Okay. Test, test, test. Connor. Test, test, test. JD. Testing the microphones. This is microphone test. Well, my microphone's hanging in my face, so it's not a good reflection of my audio level. Is where should it be? No, I just, it's because I'm leaning over like oh, this. Oh, right. So it's going to give you a false positive? False positive. All right. Whereas you want a true negative. True negative. Wait, talk again. False, false, false. You're a little softy soft. I'm soft? I can put it No, well, now, now you're good. Now you're good. Okay. Now you're good. Okay, this is going to be fine. All right. We're good here. Mm. Well, this is 12-hour day. This is 12-hour day. Episode what? Uh, 17. Sweet 17. Sweet 17. There's an outlet over here. All right. Um, 17, baby. So, so this is uh, our second episode of the year 2019. So, you know, I had a weird reaction because I'm realizing some a little bit of like uh, uh, historical math snuck up on me. Oh yeah, which is that one of those like either it was like Pace or the AV Club or something did their like top hundred TV shows of the decade. Right. And I honestly thought, wait, why are they doing that now? Oh, I had the same thing happen. Because it doesn't, for some reason, like every decade that I've been aware of those things, like when the 80s were ending, I had a sense that like the 80s are ending, let's right. look back at the 80s. The 90s are ending, let's look back at the 90s. Let's look all the way back to, two, in 2009 I had a feeling of like, we're going to look back to 2000. 2019, for some reason, even though I'm aware of 2020 as being a milestone marker, yeah. I wasn't prepared yet to think of this as a decade. I agree. Like, I don't even know, like, and it's partly because we haven't had a thing. People haven't been referring to it as one word, like the teenies or the twenties or the, well, the aughts, we had the aughts. Right. This isn't the aughts anymore. And there never was a word. That's what I'm saying. There's no. Yeah. And so. Yeah. What do you call this? Because here's the thing. Yeah. I can't even think of what they call the 19 teens. Tens? Doesn't seem right because it feels like it's the tennies. It feels stupid no matter what. The 30s, what. the 20s. The 10s. The early 1900s. Yeah. Uh, the 10s, no. The 10s doesn't sound right. Sounds the like teenies doesn't so- sound right. No, neither of those sound good. 10s sounds like... Language has failed on British. this front. Like, the English... La- this is an English language fail. Yeah. This is bad. There's no good word, and... What I'm convinced is, even if we were to come up with a good word for it, it still feels like it's already been too much. It's already failed the test of it should be. It should come naturally. If we come up with something, it's going to feel forced. Even if it's great, even if we come up with a great word for it, yeah, the journey to get to it is already too much. Well, and it's like um, trying to like name your band after it's broken up. Yeah, it's too late. It's too late to name it. Even if historians come up with something, it's just... And so I'm not... It's I'm having to force my brain to think of this decade as its own decade. And I don't have good markers in my head mentally for it, even though... Here's the only only reason I have a good marker for it. Yeah. I graduated college in 2010. Wait, did I? Yes. (laughs) You were the class of 2010? Yeah. When did you start doing improv classes? Uh, August 2009. So you were still in college when you started doing improv classes? Just like 
uh, credit yes. left? Yes. In fact, my 401, was it 401? Uh. The 301 was on the, my graduation week. This is so disgusting. Um, okay, listen, I'm not, one, I'm not one of these people that started when they were 17. Started when I was 22. I know, but you were a college boy. I didn't realize that. I had just graduated. When we had met, I wasn't in college anymore, you and I. But you were basically a college boy, and I didn't know it. <laughs> you, were ju- you were still, like, you might as well still be wearing your letter jacket. Yeah, I was. Just not at UCB. Oh, okay, so... I mean, I have good markers for it in the sense of, like, the past decade for me has been my UCB decade. Yeah, I think that was another thing I was going to say, is that I think it feels like that maybe for us, because despite us being different ages, our past 10 years have been a similar trajectory. Yes, it's been... I can can do it for my own life, but I don't have a good marker for... I, I have less of a good marker for it for culture. Right. Because... Two things are happening to me. One is that I've, I've entered, I'm well into middle age by this point. Right. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm battling that thing of you, you reach a certain age where you've absorbed so much culture that you start becoming more of a full sponge or more of a, right. uh, it's harder for me to, taking on new things, I'm already holding a lot, you know, like, so when a new thing comes out, I'm like, okay, I gotta like, fit this in with all the stuff that I've already got like crammed in my head. And then the other aspect is yeah. you're now a part of culture more. So mm-hmm. being inside the machine, it is harder to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Because there are shows and things that you have an opinion on that is not based on the thing itself or its cultural impact. It is mm-hmm. based on your interaction with it, which oftentimes is, oh, I got an audition for that, but I didn't get to do it. Or I was in that, and I yeah. want to do another episode of that. And You know what I mean? Like, yes. Uh, and I'm not really bothered by... If I audition for something and I don't get it, I don't feel like I... It doesn't really taint my enjoyment of it as a show. I, but isn't there a part of you that's like... Yes, l- but I know the characters of the Deuce are not real now. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm, I'm actually... I'm, I'm thankfully really good at suspension of disbelief when watching most things. Right. So the only times that I really have a problem with that. This is in dangerous spoiler territory for me. I'm going to, you might guess it anyway. Because I don't think this is something you've seen. Okay. But I was watching something. Uh Uh-huh. And it's something that I have a, a certain amount of, like, uh, my experience of watching it has always been just on the outside looking in, and it's a fun yeah. thing to watch. And I didn't know that someone that I know was in this thing. You're talking succession? No. Okay. I don't want to spoil you. This is more of I don't want to spoil you for a thing Got it. that I don't know whether you've watched. So I don't even want to say it, because if I say it, you'll guess, and you'll start. You're, yes. you're a detective. So I got a, I got a clean slate. Clean slate. This Nothing on to you. hold on to. I was watching a thing. Yes. And then I realized, like, oh, a person I know is in this. Right. And then I realized I've never had that experience with this universe before. I see. Got this it, got fictional it, got it. world that I was watching, and I didn't expect it to affect me as much as uh, it did, and it didn't ruin the thing. But it definitely was like, oh, that's, I've never had a problem with that before. Right. Like, 
uh, it doesn't like even something I'd been in like Orange is the New Black. I'm still able to watch that as its own universe, even though I'm in it. There's a little section of it that's maybe carved out that's like I can't get fully invested in the part that I'm in the right. way that I was, but I can still do it with every other aspect of it because it's right. it's a little bit segmented in terms of the way things now overlap. I'm to figure out what the thing is. Um, oh, this is bad. Why? Because now I'm trying to figure out what the thing is because you've dropped enough clues that I'm like, what's a show that's still running that's that don't overthink it. Because surpri- for me, I was like, I was like, oh, what's a show that's? I was like, I was like Veep, but I was like, but it's not surprising because we know plenty of people in Veep, right? And so I'm like, what's a show that'd be surprising uh, that we don't know that someone's in? Don't worry about it. Um, the it's like kind of doesn't watch The Good Doctor, <laughs> um, and it's like it, The Good Place. We know tons of people in The Good Place already. Yeah. So yeah. then, um, what would it be? It has to be something serious, I guess. That'd be surprising if there's a comedy person. I don't it? want to have spoiled this thing for you or for anyone listening. Is it something that I will probably watch? I don't know, man. Um, Tell me the network. Never. Okay, so then um, I know it's HBO. <laughs> no. How do you know it's HBO? That's a bluff. That's just a pure bluff. You're trying to Columbo me and you're not going to do it. Hey, um, just one more thing. Yeah. It's Netflix. Um, but, so here's the thing. Okay. Culturally, I was watching that um, CNN The Movies series. The Movies. Yeah. You ever seen any of those? No. I really Sims is in it. What? Sims is in it. Is he? I think so. Oh, yeah, he is. I, I, there's so many people in it. And sometimes I'll have it on as a thing that's sort of like a background thing. Yeah. So he may have come on screen at one point. I didn't clock his right. voice or something. Um, or maybe I just it's my memory crumbling. At least I think he's in it. Um. I can't keep track of who's in what anymore. Well, it sounds like you do a pretty good job. What? It sounds no. like you do a pretty good job keeping secrets. That's true. Um, I really enjoyed the... Because those are all Tom Hanks produced. The, the Mandalorian. Like, I'm not going to give you any more clues one way or the other. It's probably the Mandalorian. Why you, would it probably be that? Because, because it's the one series that's a serious series that would be surprising. But I know you're going to watch that. Right. So you're saying that refutes it, so it's not The Mandalorian. I'm not going to give you clues one way or the other. Maybe you're sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well now, um, maybe you're trying to, trying to double... <laughs> maybe I'm trying to double back forward bluff you reverse yeah. style. Um, Playtone Pictures, Tom Hanks produced those uh, documentary series yes. for CNN, which I hadn't realized had been going on for such a... For this whole decade, basically. There right. was the one about the decades, where they do like the 70s, the 80s. And they have different episodes and different things. And they're not, they're not comprehensive. Like, they're very much like a quick, a quick dash through, right. like skimming the surface of yeah. stuff. But I find it very pleasurable. It's not like uh, we're really going to get in deep. Yeah. Um, like, uh, uh, like a lot of podcasts will like really like yes. dive in deep to stuff. But the movies, I found... Very enjoyable. Even though, like, even even I know there were some people mad because they did it out of order. So, like, the first episode was, like, the 80s. And then they did, like, the 70s. And they did the 90s. And they did this Is century. this the show? What? Zach Cherry shows up halfway through halfway the through. movies. Yeah. Um, but then they did one episode that was, like, the 30s through the 60s, 60s yeah. or something. And people got really angry because they're like, how dare you, like, Just like skim over yeah. all of the most important parts of film history. But they were like... First of all, a lot of that's already been covered in other things. Right. 
And also, it's like, this is going to be... Le- people are going to want to watch the 80s one more than they're going to watch... One- if you did one that's just like, the 20s, people would be like, this would be our lowest rated episode. You know, be because- like, yeah, and now sound appeared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in the opening... Uh, uh, there's a you know one of those dazzling yeah. kind of opening sequences where it's like flying through all these clips from movies, yeah. and all these iconic things, all of these like iconic moments from movies. And then when it got to this century, it suddenly felt to me like there were fewer guaranteed iconic. Like if you go through the '80s, you can almost like grab random five hit movies right. and like pull out the iconic moment. You're like, or you'll have like the you know like. Uh, uh, Jack and Rose and the Titanic or something. Yeah. Uh, it, these things like that. But for this century, it felt like they, it was like Black Panther and they're like, that's it. Like it was hard. And I was like trying to think of like, what are the big iconic movie moments that everyone can agree on from this century? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting, that's a really interesting thing because I think it also has to do with the fact that the concept of the blockbuster was so unique in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. because it was a time when people were going to the... Going to the movies was still a... Everyone did it. Everyone did it. It was what you did. It was yeah. how you saw movies. And yeah. if if you missed it in the theaters, you had to wait two months for it to come out on VHS. Or a year. Yeah, or more, yeah, truly. Like, originally, the original window, it felt like, if you miss it this summer, you'll see it next year. Right. And... Because, and just the nature of how people were taking in quote-unquote content, which wasn't called content back then. It was just called movies yeah. and TV shows. Um, was totally different. And so... The world changed. And so there could be drama or four-quadrant giant blockbusters. Like, the Titanic could be a movie that was made that everybody saw twice. Yeah. Whereas now... What's the last big drama blockbuster to like top the box office? I don't even know. I also have trouble even remembering what movies. I, I've always had this problem. I've always had the problem of, even when I was getting really into the Oscars, even during the period yeah. where I would have Oscar parties, as soon as the Oscars passed, a week later, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I, I would think of the previous year's Oscar winners. I wouldn't be able to remember right. the most recent like Best Picture. Yeah, and I do think that's the other thing, too, is that you look back and you're able to put a previous decade in a box mm-hmm. based on its cultural impact and what actually stuck around from it. Yeah. And when you're in it, you have no idea. It's funny. I remember thinking about um, in, like, the early 2000s, mm-hmm. like, wondering, um, I was like, What's the like fashion trend? You know, like people have like yeah. eight when we when I was growing up, it'd be like dress eighties style or whatever when you were in grade school or yeah. something. And now it's like, um, I was like, what's like the like two thousand and three? But then now I look back in photos of like two thousand three, and I'm like, oof, yeah, we were all dressed a little weird there. Like you know, like you see all those yeah. fashions, and it's now only like twenty years later that I'm like, oh yeah, we that was weird. And that's the thing, the thing that I'm, one thing that I'm happy about culturally this year. Yeah. And it's, it's I liked it. I liked it. A lot of people don't like it. Yeah. Uh, It's a very divisive thing, but it is also a thing that it feels like, if not everybody saw it, enough people saw it that it felt, I liked that it was big, is Joker. 
And the thing about it is, even if people hated the movie, that scene on the steps is like, it's a recognizable yes. movie moment that they created. Even if you hate it as a moment, it's like a thing that if you reference it, people are actually going there, and I realize it's a problem in the Bronx that people are going right. to the Joker stair. And I actually find that to be kind of funny that it's this yeah. thing that it's like, these were just like these annoying stairs that people kind of... If you had to use them, they were like, oh, God, i got to walk up these stairs. And now it's like people are dressing up like the Joker and the people in that neighborhood are like putting up signs saying, please respect our neighborhood. These are stairs we have to use. Stop dancing and taking photos on your Instagram. Which but is I, also funny, too, because in the context of the Joker... He's about to go do something horrible. Yeah, it's like, it's not something that you want to be doing. And yet... I do agree with the the people who many people have made the comment that before Joker came out, the big story was like, are there going to be shootings? Are there is this going to lead to violence? And the main thing it has led to is people taking pictures of themselves dancing. Truly, that it is like this was the best case scenario. Yeah, if we if we exactly. look back on it, they were like nothing that horrible happened. The main thing people are like. I like the way the Joker danced. People in a neighborhood in the Bronx are frustrated that people are dancing in their neighborhood. Yeah, I think that more, rich more, people are. They're more frustrated that people are like Ubering there, taking their pictures, and leaving, as opposed to like it's not necessarily like uh, uh, bringing life to the neighborhood in terms of like tourism. Well, and also the whole point was that it's supposed to be this like low-income neighborhood where things were. Mm-hmm. It was not a good place to live. Right. And that was the depiction in the movie. Yeah. And then people are Ubering there and looking at it like a zoo. Like, ooh, look at this wild place in a movie. Right. Like, look at this. Like, this is so, like, treating it like it's, like, this unique thing when really it's like, no, this is just what, like, a place that needs more public funding looks yeah. like. <laughs> um, did you see the movie? I did. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing from your reaction that maybe you have, that I maybe enjoyed it more than you. Um. My hot take on the Joker. Here it comes. Was this is a movie that would have had a massive cultural impact and changed cinema if it came out in 2004. Interesting. Now it's, and I say that because it is playing off of things that already had an impact on culture and changed things. Yeah. And I think that idea of like, oh, let's, you know, the anti hero, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm like, that stuff that to me was novel. TV already kind of like burned through a lot of that. And I just, I don't think it's where we are culturally right now. And yet, it's the biggest R-rated movie, the biggest, the most profitable uh, comic book movie because it costs so little to make and it made, right. so, that it is, be, it has become, why do you think it is that that movie struck such a, it's not that everybody loved it, but it feels like everybody went to see it. Um, or at least a good more, question. Or at least more so than I would have A, predicted or thought possible for a movie that is... Like, a lot of the people who I feel like hate it the most are people who I feel like have seen a lot of movies that it's, like, borrowing from. Yeah. And maybe people who liked it more are people who maybe are less... Like, for for a lot of people, I feel like it may be, like, unlike anything they've seen before. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think that's something that happens a lot of times, especially if you are... And I think that's one of the, the things that you know, is discussed over and over again about culture is that oftentimes the people that are disgusting, disgusting, are discussing, (laughs) are discussing and 
um, deciding what um, is culturally accepted or what is good and not good are uh, a a box of people who are seeing everything and are right. not connected to how most people see things. In the same way that, like, for example, when you and I look at an improv show or a comedy show, right. we are basing it on the sum total of improv that we have seen, which spreads across a huge spectrum. Yeah. However, if my parents go and see improv, if they see Whose Lines It Anyways, they're like, that's the tops. I've never seen anything like that before. And we're like, no, but wait, you should have, you right. should have seen when the Shucks did a monoscene <laughs> herald that ended up, you know what I mean? Like, right. that doesn't matter. And even if someone does something that... And so I think the same thing's happening with movies, where um, critics and people that are talking about film have seen all the really interesting stuff being made and are, yeah. are, are clocking how it's affecting the culture. And so something comes out that is sort of a... Um, just putting together a couple of those pieces and maybe in a way that like doesn't quite fit together like some of the other things that it is resembling. Yeah. Then people, those people are mad about it and then whereas most people have never seen anything like that or haven't understood how that relates to the current day. What I found is weirdly, I found the whole situation surrounding it in the end weirdly refreshing in a way that in other contexts I found it annoying. Like, I think a lot of the cultural conversation around Star Wars, I've always found kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, Just because there's always so much negativity. And to me, even the negative stuff should have some uh, uh, layer of something that's a little bit less toxic and more fun. Right. But what was weird was that, like, even among people who liked it, didn't like it, hated it or whatever like that, it felt like it didn't get... Like, there's so much ugliness in the movie that it's dealing with. It's yeah. about a certain ugliness. There's so much ugliness in the culture right now. And it didn't feel like the conversation about Joker got very heated. It just, but it was like, in some quarters it was very serious where there were people who were like, this movie is not original or this movie is like... Um, uh, dangerous regarding mental health, or like there were yeah. there were like serious aspects to it, but it didn't feel like people were having fights about it. It sort of felt like I'd see people have conversations where like, "Did you see it?" and they're like, "I really didn't like it," and other people are like, "Oh, I really liked it," and it didn't feel like it got emotional. It felt like it was sort of like yeah, it almost felt like that's very interesting to say because I think you're correct because I I I did not love it. Yeah. Um, and my thing is, I. And I saw the things in it that people had problems with. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. But I also was like, I liked it. I, for me, there was enough style to it. And I liked uh, uh, Joaquin's energy. I liked the energy right. of his performance. And uh, it, it had enough to me that I was like, oh, yeah, I like this, even though I agree that it's like, in the same way that I felt like when Shutter Island came out, I felt like. If this movie had been released in 1947, right. we'd still be talking about it. But by the time it came out, it was like these twists. Even if you don't see a twist coming, now, even when you don't predict a twist sometimes, it happens and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting a twist, but this is a familiar feeling, so I'm not surprised that there right. was a twist. Yeah, for me, my criticism was I felt like I think the best films are the films where hidden in all the crevices is a really interesting truth. Right. And I felt like, so much of um, 
what that movie was doing, the Joker was um, just really broad strokes right. of stuff, which is probably why it was successful in a lot of ways. But like, yeah. even in its like dealing with like mental health and things like that, it was like it felt like a very like like oh, the system. We can't help you here. You have to go be crazy on your own. Like, right. In a way where I'm like, well, okay, the, everything's a lot more nuanced than this. And so I think that's what I was missing is like, I didn't see the truth that I could grab onto and hidden in the crevices. Yeah. And so it just felt very stock. Um, and here's the other thing. Yeah. That I think is actually more interesting um, is, and I have talked about this a lot with my own work and things like that is that especially during, I think half, some of it has to do with my age, but some of it has to do also with, I think, just the context of mm. like the type of performances and comedy that I used to do, I would never do right now. Right. It just doesn't feel apropos. Right. And I feel like I had a lot of um, things of in my own life that I was trying to wrestle with in terms of like control and... Um, anger and um, animosity and these things that I was trying to deal with within my own head about right. myself that I was able to explore um, on stage, but it also felt like a safe place to do that because so much of the cultural conversation when I was coming up was people being like, are we post-racism? Like, right. remember that was a thing? Yeah. People were like, we're like post-racism now. And... Now that couldn't feel further from the truth, right? And there our, are certain kinds of negativity that felt cathartic in like 2011. Yes, that now would feel like poison. Exactly, and I actually look back and I'm like, sort of like um, ashamed. Not ashamed. I know, but I've, I'm like, I just you just see yeah, how yeah, quickly yeah. things can change and how something that felt like Not oh, it. this was something we needed because it wasn't in the color palette. Yeah. Suddenly, when now everything is that color, you're like, no, 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 I did like, yeah, like that's not the type of stuff I want to do anymore. Yeah, um, it's interesting because, um, and the main thing I think, even though I thought with Joker coming out that it was going to be a situation where, because the big conversation beforehand was like, is this a mo- is this a bad movie to have at this time? And it may be that it was. But I think the way it ended up being received weirdly, I don't think it. I don't think it necessarily reached anyone on like a deep level the way that it, I think maybe it was aiming to. But weirdly, it, it. I just liked the fact that it was like a big thing that. Yes. You can reference culturally that everybody saw, and what I wonder is when people look back on it maybe five or ten years from now is that hopefully people might look back on it and see that like if things take a change for the better that part of that movie might have been that in some weird way the reason everyone didn't freak out about it is because it was almost like the equivalent of like uh, like the sense that like something's on fire and then you look outside and you're like, oh yeah, the building across the street is on fire. Right. That like the movie in some way I think we'll look back on it and be like, this movie came out and it was more like a cold reflection of like, uh, right now is a bad time. Yeah. I th- and I- I've thought about that too is that I do think in the future because of how the timelines get sort of mm-hmm. 
turned into a morass yeah. at a certain point that people look back and be like, oh, that movie really reflects that time. Yes. And I don't know if that's untrue. I think it might be true, and I think that's what is actually so... And I mean this in every possible way. Yeah. Where not only, like, of course, the obvious thing of the, like, you know, this angry person committing an act of violence, you know, for these reasons that are... But also that... There is a simplified romanticization of it that annoy, uh, avoids some of the elements of truth that actually go into that. But I think also reflect why some of the bad stuff that we're in is because I think that ideology does exist out there. Yeah. And I think people, there are a lot of people who have oversimplified, you know, the those same themes and allowed them to, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think that it might be actually, does that mean that that's a movie that I have to enjoy or... Yeah, like right now, no. But I think you're right that it might be something you look. We look back on are like, oof. I guess that movie really was the uh, movie yeah. of the times. Like the defi- a defining moment. Even though I think a lot of people's reaction to it was the equivalent of like looking outside and being like, oh, the building down the block's on fire. Yeah, and then like I'm going back to sleep. Or I think people looking out and being like, yes, I don't like this. Yeah. Stop showing me that. Yes. Now, the other thing that ties into this, which is an, another interesting thing, is... Uh, oh, this is a podcast where we <laughs> talk for 12 hours. You're listening for the first time. Oh, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> this doesn't end. Uh, <laughs> if you started listening to this and you didn't realize that this is a podcast called 12 Hour Day that lasts for at least 12 hours and occasionally much longer... Um, the little progress bar on your whatever you're playing this on you'll think it's frozen it's not frozen you're just in the early going of it we're 32 minutes into we're actually 30 minutes into this episode and yeah. that's when we first introduced the premise of it yeah when some, some podcasts will be over by now um, Todd Phillips I think this was the most interesting to me controversy about it yeah uh, Todd Phillips, uh, director of the Hangover movies and director of Joker, yeah. gave an interview because there have been a lot of comedy controversies in the past you know, six yes. months or whatever since our last episode. And, uh, and I've always maintained that in not all cases, but in most cases, <clears throat> whenever there's been a big comedy controversy about like a comedian says something and it's shocking and then people get mad about it, that there is truth, obviously, to the things that people get offended by, but very often, I think, the bigger problem is that, like, or or at least, like, a defining problem in most things when someone says something is that the thing that's said isn't funny enough. Yeah. And that that's sort of the first thing that gets people is, like, that wasn't funny enough. And also that if you're funny enough, and then in some cases... There are some things that are so horrible that in order to be funny enough to get away with them, it's almost an unattainable level of funny. Yes. So it's like you have to be funny times a billion to get away to saying something so like shocking. Yeah. You have to line it up so perfectly that people can undeniably be like, well, it's shocking, but it was so funny. Right. Uh, 
it's almost like having enough medicine, enough, an- the humor is the antidote. You have to have enough antidote to overpower the poison, but there are some poisons that are so strong that it's like, no amount of antidote is going to... Or it's like, you know, how when they talk about, like, um, light speed travel, how it's mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, it would be possible, but you'd be moving so fast that the tiniest particle that got in your way would eviscerate right. the entire spaceship. Yes. So it's like, it's like that, you'd have to figure that out before you could do a... Light speed travel. But the director of uh, Joker was talking about his transition from like com- broad comedy, popular comedies yeah. to making a drama. And one of the things that he said in the interview, it was very controversial and people caused a lot of people talking about it, was, did you just see the quote? No. He was basically said, I'm going to paraphrase it. You can find it if you want the accurate yeah. quote. Uh, but it was like, I stopped being, uh, it was a thing that a lot of, I've heard a lot of different comedians like complain about, which yeah. is that like, you can't be funny anymore because people take it the wrong way. People get offended or whatever. And I think generationally, it's also something that you've heard over right. the years. There's always people who are complaining, like everyone's mad now about stuff yeah. that they didn't used to be mad about. Uh, and he, the comment was good, something like "Good luck trying to be, uh, good luck trying to be funny," or "Go try to be funny in this atmosphere." Uh, where people are offended by everything you do, or it, it was something that was basically like yeah. saying that it was impossible. So it was like, yeah, uh, uh, try and be funny the way things are now. But when I read the quote, even though I know the point of it was saying you can't, right? I just read it and thought like, oh, it almost felt like inspirational to me. Or <laughs> like, yeah. okay, I will. I like to me, it's like a, it's a challenge, right? Which is like, uh, the old jokes don't work, right? See if you can find the the jo- the new jokes that do work. Uh, is that partly because the Hangover series has come under fire? Maybe a little bit that there were, and I don't. Here's the thing: is I saw all three Hangover movies. I don't remember any. I remember laughing. I remember thinking the second one, uh, which everyone really got mad at the second one. Okay. And people seemed to love the first one and got. I remember people being really angry at the second one. I remember thinking the second one. Worked better if you thought of it as a thriller than as a comedy. I don't remember. That it was just like if you watch it as a, like, they're in danger. That you could, it was easier for me to lock into it if I didn't think of it as a comedy. Right. If I thought it was a comedy, it felt like things were falling flat. If I thought of it as a thriller, I think just while I watched it, my brain did a thing about, like, right. it's not working like this. It was almost like like the parts of your tongue that supposedly like taste different things, like yeah. salty or sweet, that I was like... The sweet parts of this aren't working. Let's focus on the salt. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I barely remember the third movie, except uh, I think they, like, added, I think, like, Melissa McCarthy's in the third one. No Like idea. a supporting role, I think. Um, but, but, no, it was just an interesting thing because I felt like uh, saying, go, good luck trying to be funny in this woke atmosphere... And I was like, yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like, you have to, yeah. if you want to be in comedy, you don't get, to, nobody gets to be a comedian in the 1700s. Like, if that was a goal, you're like, oh, man, I could have done some jokes that people would have loved back in the 1700s. Right. It's just like I was born in the wrong time. It's like, you have to be funny. That's some the great stuff you, about the king. <laughs> yeah. You have to be funny in the era that you live in. And every era, there's people who feel like, well, what's happening now? Something changed. Yeah, and... well, and it's so funny, though, because I think um, it happens every 
era mm-hmm. is that people are like, oh, you can't be... It's, can't be funny anymore. It's the same kind of... Because like, it was sort of like... Um, I remember all of the... When Apatow started doing his thing, people were like, well, I guess there's no jokes anymore. That it's all just riffing and there's nothing that's really funny and right. we've lost craft and stuff like that. And yeah. like, ev- there's always people who are like, but the thing that I was doing isn't what you're doing anymore. Now I'm upset. And that's not... That's not to say that there aren't audience members who are terrible. You know what I mean? But right. that's true in any like any age bracket. There are audience members. You know, sometimes think of the audience as this like monolithic group, but in right. any audience, uh, there's always someone that if you were to really, if you were to do a post show interview with them. You'd be horrified by like, oh my god, they didn't get it at all. They were like, I did like the way that one guy was yelling. Right. And you're like, oh no, but you didn't get what we were. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but that's also making stuff. Yeah. Wait. So I want to go back to how this all started, of what we think the iconic film moments are. Can't think of any others, but I'm open to hear them. Okay, so you think Joker steps? Joker steps. Um, I like. It's very funny to me that it, it's like. The only iconic moment of cinema I can think of in the past decade is the Joker steps. Well, in terms of... <laughs> Justin, I like, mean that... I, like, this is going back more than a decade, but like, I Drink Your Milkshake would be one. Yes. But there's a lot of people who never saw that movie. They right. maybe heard about that as a riff. But I think, I think that's almost the, the thing that becomes a test, is that... If it permeates culture to extent that people that haven't seen the movie still know that moment, that helps. But that's true. That's even more true of the Joker steps. Yeah, no, I'm I'm yeah. on board with the Joker steps. I'm I'm saying I just think it is funny, given all of the subtext surrounding that conversation. Yeah, that if you account for that conversation, it is funny for you to be saying that is the most iconic moment because of what to other people that might reflect and represent. Mm-hmm. Even though you've described yeah. wonderfully why it is not, but it is funny to, you know what I mean? It's also just funny that that is what, in all of the serious hand-wringing and conversation and stuff like that, it's like, well, there's one part where he dances on the steps and everyone really got into that. Well, also, who kn- you know, listen, we, n- we never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. This might- it's also, even that moment is controversial because... The song that is playing under it is the Gary Glitter uh, yeah. song, and he's a convict, convicted child molester. Right. And so there's a big controversy about, like, does he, when he gets released from prison, does that mean he's going to make a fortune off of this movie? Oh, right. Um, because of songwriting royalties. And so, like, is... What a the, world. Is, is a, there were people who were like, wait, so this is a movie that explains that the Joker was abused as a child... And that's what made him the Joker. And the movie itself is going to make him a ton of money for someone who molested children. Uh, oh, no. And then... Todd! Todd! And then, Todd, no! And it's also there are people who, like... I liked the way that was such a familiar song that... There was something about it that, like, worked for me as a moment that it was just like, oh, it's just this song. Like, yeah. it almost feel felt like... On the one, I, I've seen people talk about like, no, it's the song they used to play at sporting events. It's like a really unoriginal choice for that kind of thing. But it was almost like using that song felt like a trolling, like the Joker would play that song 
for all the right and wrong reasons. I forgot how like, much you love trolls. No, I mean, you love trolling. I love, I love DreamWorks trolls and no others. Um, no, I've never seen the, the Trolls movie. I don't even know how many Trolls movies there are now. Two? Um, no, I think there's three. Trolls World Tour. That's a movie? Yeah. There was Trolls, and there was Trolls 2? I think the McElroys are going to be in one of them. Oh, that's right. There's a, Yeah, they have a campaign to get into Trolls. And I think it worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is... Do we think Get Out? Yes. Absolutely. The, um, the Sunken Place. The Sunken Place. But I'll say this. <clears throat> Maybe this is just me, but I've witnessed other people do it too. Struggle to remember that it's called The Sunken Place. I forget every time and then I have to work to remember. Well, you want to know what my mind first went to, which now brings up a very interesting oh, question the, to this. Uh, the, uh, the Upside Down? Yes, because Missing now... Missing out Stranger Things... That's what I have the same moment where I'm like the sunken place and the upside down. My first impulse is to call the thing and get out the upside down. I know I'm not alone in this. But here's what I'm saying is that I think some of the biggest movie moments of this past decade are on TV shows. Yes. I'm I'm going to say two words from Mm -hmm. a series I've never seen. Right. But I know what this is and what this represents. Yeah. Red Wedding. Yes. Never seen that series, but I know... Roughly what that means. And now we're to another recent cultural conversation that I think this ties yeah. into. Are you a little chilly? I'm a little chilly. I'm a little chilly. Now, your plan for today was to walk around all over. But I'm enjoying this right now. Yeah. I mean, we got 12 hours. we got 12 hours. Now, should we try and contact Patrick since his lunch break will be fairly early and see if we want to head in and meet him for his lunch break? Uh, or, do, or is that not a priority? I don't know if it's a priority, but reach out to him. I'll reach Same out. Same with Zach. Same with Zach. All right, I'll this is a part of the podcast I think I want, where we... I want to talk to Zach about his career. Great. Because I think it's such an interesting yeah. trajectory. Okay. Um, while Connor's texting... Uh, yeah, this I'll is the part where we, book, where we book guests for the show that you're currently listening for. Because we have enough time that we can... Uh, we can do that. We can do it as we go. Um... So this is 12-hour day. Yeah, do all the housekeeping. Um, I'm going to look up when our last episode was recorded. Episode 17. Um, our show is almost allowed to vote and emancipate itself. Oh, we still got a ways, though, don't we? Uh, what? We still got a ways. No, 18. Next 18? episode. Oh, I thought you meant how many years we've been doing the podcast. No. Yeah. No, in terms of the amount of episodes. Um, but you're right, in terms of the years. So our last episode... Oh, right. Wait, really? Our last episode was recorded on January 10th and June 5th. Oh, because we had to do the follow-up. We had, right. to, we had to add stuff because we lost right. part of so it. So much. January 10th, right before my birthday. June 5th. Okay. So it's been July, August, September, October, November. Five months. Five or six months. That's not so bad. That's better than we've done before. Well, but the June stuff was just supplemental. It really is January, so it's been nearly a year. Yeah. It's uh, turned into sort of a yearly podcast. Uh, we try to do two episodes a year minimum. I posted a thing on the subreddit. Right. Um, but most people experienced the last episode in summer. Yes. 
Right. Yeah. I posted the last... On the subreddit, I asked, I said, what's your ideal episode frequency? And most people were like, some people were like six a year. Some people were like three a year. It, sound, it seemed like most people, and it's funny because the people that were posting were people that were like, yeah. they weren't really expressing their will as much just being nice. Right. And being generous to right. our time constraints. Right. Um, but it sounded like people were like, yeah, if we can get like two or three a year, that's sort of the goal. <laughs> I'd feel bad if we did fewer than two a year. I agree. Um, because this way we you get one of your 365 days a year is spent listening to this podcast. One full entire day if we yeah. do two episodes. Right. So we t- I feel like if we take a day out of someone's year. Right. Um, so if it was a regular podcast, here's what I think. So like Reply All or other podcasts like that that are every other week. Yeah. If we do two episodes a year, that makes us an every other week podcast. Great. Because like 25-ish hours yeah. is roughly, and we always go long. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll get to a point, maybe next year we'll do three episodes or more. You know, that I feel like, I feel like uh, it's also... You know, I think in the last episode we talked a lot. Like this episode we've actually had, so far, we've been talking about things that I don't know that we've necessarily talked about in uh, yes. specific ways in previous yeah. episodes. There are cultural things. We're sort of, and we've still got a lot to unpack. Into, yeah. Um, but in the last episode I started feeling like that real fear that I've had since the beginning that We'll start cycling through and repeat things. I don't think we did in the last episode, but I, I had a heightened feeling of that, like the, yeah. the danger of it. Right. Well, I think what's interesting, what, here's the other thing that I think could be interesting, though, is that if we do repeat stuff, mm-hmm. it'll be, it'd be interesting to reflect how we tell those stories and return to those things like yeah. five years apart, because I'm sure it's different. There's but anyways. A, there's also somebody on Twitter who started listening to our podcast this year i think oh really and was starting from the beginning so they were hearing it and they were they were listening to us because uh, we started off with the wolf of wall street right and uh yeah wait I, I think we do this every episode but i'm gonna look when that first episode was yeah and uh and they were just commenting on like it's interesting hearing us talk about things that maybe have like Change like any mention of Trump in a pre right President Trump episode is going to be weird because we were both confident, right? And you know, it's interesting because, uh, they're uh, not to get political, but uh, I never feel uh, Mr. Joker is getting political all of a sudden, I never feel. I feel bad about how wrong uh, I was and how confidently wrong I was about Trump. Yes. But there's an interesting cultural thing on the pro-Trump side of things, which is like, you are wrong. But what I was wrong, I don't feel bad or stupid about being wrong about it because it was sort of one of those things where it's like, uh, I overestimated... Yeah, like it's it's not on me that that 
because like, I, I remember having a conversation with uh, uh, improv team Iggins that I was coaching, and everybody on that team was uh, uh, very excited about Bernie. Right. And I also like Bernie, but I was at that point, I was like, I, I'm, I was in the Hillary camp because I really felt, a, a big thing that I had felt, I was very, very pro-Obama and kind of anti-Hillary in 2008. Right. I wanted Obama. I didn't like the way she was campaigning and I, and I felt like this would be a better thing for the country and just a lot of different reasons. And I was impressed by after that how, uh, whatever feeling that anyone might have had about how like, Oh, she was like ambitious as first lady and then wanted to become senator and it felt like she was like wanting to be president. Like that it was a pathway towards the presidency. I feel like when he's like, Will you be Secretary of State? And she's like, Yes, I will, despite all the contention. I really felt like, oh, that's like she's like putting in the time. She's like it yeah. felt like one of those things that it was like it felt like that was the grown up move and I felt like, oh, now I do feel like it's sort of like a a, a, a very you know, there's just something about seeing someone, like, put in the steps, put in the, like... And at the time, I was like, I'll be happy with either of them. I kind of had a feeling that I was like, I don't know that the country just... I don't know that, like, having grown up in Missouri, I just had this feeling that uh, uh, someone who was, like, a self-referred to as socialist... Yeah. And also it said, like, I'm basically an atheist. I was like, these are boxes that I I just, I would love to have a socialist atheist president who, like, was good on policy and believed in, like, government helping people. Right. I would love that. That would be on a wish list for me. But I had this sense of what the country is en masse that I was like, I just don't believe that America is that good. Right. And, uh... And I said, I, I was not worried about Trump becoming president. I said, well, here's what I believe. And I, I think I stand by this in terms of like something that I said in 2016 that I'm like, I was like, if Trump, the only way that Trump will win is if things are worse in the country than I believe they are. And that's what ended up being yeah. true. I was like, we've got bigger problems. If that's possible, then it's bigger than who is running against you Cut know? the title. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, can we, uh, can we leave the, the door to the apartment unlocked and go out for five minutes? Yeah, I think we can. I don't think anyone's going to like break in here and like shit all over the yeah. floor. And then you come back and there's someone who's like, you didn't think anyone was going to shit all over your floor. Well, I did it. Like, yeah, it's on me a little, but it's more on you, man. Like, <laughs> Like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I just didn't think there was anyone like, right, quite, you know, it, that thing that's like owning the libs, yeah, of, uh, don't you feel stupid that like you didn't think I was gonna win and I won? I'm like, no, I feel bad. I don't feel stupid because right, <laughs> this is like I just feel like oh we're in a worse place than I had thought right, and. uh so it's interesting to think back to like naive statements. Like, cause I remember being so confident that Trump and Giuliani doing that sketch where Trump yeah, I remember motorboats that. Giuliani. I said it on an episode of the Guthrie show. I was like, America will not vote for someone. It's not just the content of the sketch. He's so bad in it. that I'm like, yeah. Americans don't want to see someone be this bad at something. And this is just one thing. Like, he's bad at a lot of things. But 
I like this clip. I think is disqualifying because it's so bad as sketch. Yeah. Uh, if you look at his performance in that, I find it impossible not to feel like embarrassment and like shame, empathy, like for how empathy. Yeah, shame, empathy. Uh, for how bad he like. Oh wow, you guys think you're being funny, and this is like it's really embarrassing to watch it. I feel like not enough people have seen that clip. Maybe if more people... But I also feel like the people who like him will look at that and see something different than I'm seeing. Yeah. I think we've litigated this on past episodes. I mean, it's what America is. That's really... Um, but, no, but it's interesting to think about it in terms of, like... How'd we get here? Oh, that people are listening to this episode oh, having yeah. just started the podcast from what year? What's your guess? 2014? 2013? December 29th, 2013. Right, yeah. The end of 2013. And here we are. We're, we're you know, not too far away from celebrating a decade of this podcast. It'll, this next few years will go quick. Yeah. Remember that first episode? Matt was considering moving to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We were trying to talk out of it. Yeah. Um, and now they're happily married and live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Time flies. When you're having life. It's fun. Life. Um, let, me, let me check in and see how our guest bookings are doing. If we've got any response. Yeah, how are we doing? Um, Zach says, what's y'all's general game plan? I'm having lunch on the Upper West Side at 1, but then should be done around 2 and can pretty much head wherever after that. Patrick says, I have something at 3. Ooh, Patrick says it can be whenever because his boss is out. Hmm. Um, so it's noon. It's basically noon for us. Yeah. Should I say one thirty? Is that a good time frame? Should I say to to Patrick? Yeah, we can do that. I'll ask him. Yeah. Say so it has one thirty for you. Or should we say one? I don't know. It's a negotiation. I'll say. Um, I I think that um, oh and this is the other thing we'll tap into this we don't have to go into this fully now but yeah um but it's interesting what a what a big conversation it's been because the the whole thing with Scorsese. You haven't seen The Irishman yet, have you? No. I'm going to see it on Wednesday. I bought a ticket to see it at IFC in the morning. I hear the move is to see it at... Uh, the Velasco? Yeah. I'm nervous about the sound there. I've heard it, the whole experience is delightful. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's just harder for me to go in the evening. Yeah. There's coaching and shows and stuff. Um you, you, they really fitted that theater out so that it sounds good? That's what I've heard. Mm. Um, I am nervous about seeing it at IFC. If they show it on the, bi- on the main screen at IFC, it'll be great. I'm worried that they're going to show it in one of those little rooms. Right. Because they sometimes will show Netflix things at IFC in the little room. Right. I actually just went, not last night, the night before, mm-hmm. to see... Um, Parasite. I saw Parasite too. I didn't see Parasite because when I arrived, it was sold out. All right. So then I said, "Oh, then 
I'll see Marriage Story. Says, no, that sold out as well. Were you left with any options? I saw the report. That's the Soderbergh? No. No, that's Adam Driver. The Soderbergh uh, produced it. Did he? It's the Scott C. Burns no. guy who wrote The Informant. Mm. Maybe I got this all. Maybe I got it all wrong. I don't. It's the one about uh, the CIA. Yeah. Is that Soderbergh? Uh, he produced it. It's Scott C. Burns who wrote uh, The Informant. Got it. Um, yes, correct. Because I was just reading an article uh, the New York Times was talking about how we've arrived at a strange moment because it used to be that you'd everyone would make exclusive deals. Right. Uh, but now you... Because I... I, I I was glad to see an article about this because I, I don't understand how it works. They were like, Steven Soderbergh has a new movie out on Netflix. Uh, he's yeah. done several movies. He's also got a new thing that's coming out on Amazon. He also has a new thing. That's, and it's just like every... He has a new thing for HBO Max. So it's like Soderbergh is working with all these companies that are competing with each other. Right. They're like, like Shonda Rhimes has a, a huge deal with Netflix, but she's also still got all her shows on ABC. Right. So like the, they're, everyone wants to work with... And they're like, it's the same people working for all these same companies. Right. They're all signing deals, but they still have their old deals. And that's not the way it used to be. Um, yeah, so you saw the report. How was it? Let's get your report on the report. I thought it was uh, really lovely. Um, the trailer for it looked good. And when I say lovely, I just mean it was like... Smart? Well, well told. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be Mr. Negative, so I won't dwell on it too, too much. That we do want to check in with Mr. Naive later in the podcast. Mr. Negative. Oh, Mr. Negative. Mr. Naive. Mr. Naive. No. Uh, uh, Mr. Naive we can check in with all the time. Yeah. Uh, I was very excited thinking this was going to be a new character to you. Like, I don't even Mr. Mr. Naive. Yeah. Well, Mr. Naive. Oh, boy. Joe Biden's going to win the presidency. <laughs> That's Mr. Naive. Um, uh the, it, it tells the story in a really interesting way mm-hmm. of the whole um, enhanced interrogation report and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but then at the end, it sort of tends towards a little, like, music rises as someone's giving a big speech. It's like right. a little just like, uh, did we have to put a bow on this? Right. Um, and it's so funny because... I don't know Scott Z. Burns. Or did you see work. the informant? I didn't. I think you'd like it overall. But it did feel like there was a lot in this movie that you could, I could see claim pin back to um, Adam McKay. Mm-hmm. Because that style of corporate intrigue storytelling... Like Big Short? With, like Big Short. Well, that's also The like Laundromat. Vice. The Laundromat, which is Soderbergh's Netflix movie. Because I think the report is an Amazon. Yes. Yes. Uh, thing. Uh, Laundromat is a Netflix thing that's Soderbergh directed that has also been compared to The Big Short because it's like explaining the way yeah. uh, big systems work in a way that the worst reviews of it have been like, this is like a uh, one of those like Now Hear This videos or like a Vox yeah, right. Thing, but with like Oscar-winning actors and stuff. 
Yeah. And it's just interesting because even like the style and pace and tone of it felt mm-hmm. very McKay inspired. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, McKay's pulling from other places. So I, I don't think that is a right. fair assessment. But it was just sort of like, oh, interesting that this is a style of movie now. Right. Of taking something that would be otherwise considered not a story and too right. dense. Hard to get all that information out in a fun way. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was good. Adam Driver, I'm really liking. I think Adam Driver is amazing like to the point where i was like he might be like my favorite actor right now he's great and when i first the first thing i saw him in was girls yeah and i remember the time not being sure whether i was watching like the equivalent of like uh like an animal in a zoo or something right like like I wasn't sure when I saw his performance on Girls originally whether it wasn't like watching uh, what's the guy from American Movie like Mark uh, uh, Borchardt yeah uh, whether it wasn't just that like they found this specimen of behavior right and they've he just like relaxed behaving on camera right but <clears throat> I think to people who to people who were like dismissive of like the Disney Star Wars movies. I think he's one of the main sort of exhibits in terms of like... Move your mic up. Yeah. I think he's like one of the main exhibits in terms of like great, like just a great actor who's like giving his all. Yeah. Like if you watch Adam Driver fight with a lightsaber in those movies, there really hasn't been anything quite like it in any Star Wars movie that I've seen. That you're Like the way that he moves, it looks like you're watching someone... It, 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 part of it looks like dance. Right. But there's so much, like, emotion and struggle in the way that he... Like, he looks like... You can see him playing out the beats of, like, this tormented, conflicted, kind of wounded creature. Yeah. And it's... It almost makes, like, when I think of, like, what it looked like for, like, Alec Guinness and David Prowse to fight with lightsabers in the first Star Wars movie, and you compare that to what it looks like to see Adam Driver kind of like lunging around and huffing and sweating and you know growling and scowling, you know. Yeah, and in the report, it's interesting because he just he's so compelling to watch. Yeah, and if it was any other actor, I think it'd be a movie that you'd be like, why am I why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. There's actually a really interesting moment that stuck in my mind that you could probably pull off, but I was like, man, I couldn't pull anything like that off it was just really it was mm-hmm. um what was it um the uh it's called like the maybe it was like the ctc or something it was like the central mm-hmm. terrorism control i don't know some yeah. group i'm getting the yeah. whatever the thing is wrong but the script called for him to He's having this conversation with people, and it's like one early in the movie, and he says, "CTC." He says CTC, and then, or no, he starts saying, in the script, they need him to say CTC so that they can use it for the rest of the movie, but also explain what it is. Yeah, and so he has a moment where it just feels so natural and real. Yeah, where he's talking to these people who are like part of the CIA. And he's like, and that's when they went to the central, the CTC, like, he interrupts himself. He's saying the full name, but he stops halfway through and changes it to the abbreviation. Right. Because he 
recognizes that he's with people that he know this whole thing. And it, so yeah. he's like sort of, it's this, both he is embarrassed that he was saying the full name yeah. and also trying to masquerade as being as smart as them. Yeah. But to the audience, he is telling us what the abbreviation stands for that he's going to use for the rest of the thing. Yeah. And it's, he does it so swiftly and quickly. And, and truly, if you are a, like a millisecond off, the audience is just like, it's like a magic trick because he's got to like, and it's such a small little thing, but he was just such a, a, I was, I literally was like, that's how someone who is excited and rambling would cut themselves off to change how they're saying it to fit the social context. Yeah. Yeah. And it also explained to me, the audience, what this thing stood for. Yeah. And it's like that to me, there's like, when people are like learning how to act or like teaching acting, I feel like, um, Patrick says okay for one thirty. Okay, where is he? Uh, Rock Center, somewhere near there. Okay, so you should leave here at like twelve fifty. Yeah. Um, and we're getting lunch with him. Yeah, I think so. Somewhere okay. around there. Yeah. Um, a lot. Like, I remember. Part of the reason I hated acting classes, and I don't know whether I've mentioned this before, I feel like I probably must have. Part of the reason I never liked acting classes, and I always liked doing plays, never thought I got much out of acting classes. But I remember doing a thing at the University of Missouri. There's this guy who was like a really great, he directed some great productions at, at University of Missouri, Columbia. I had him for an acting class, and we had to do this stupid exercise where they, he said he wanted us to like pick a thing that we did every day, like pick a, a routine physical act that we did every day, right. and notice it, and then recreate it in class. So and, he wanted us to like get up in front of the class and do a thing we always do. Right, and you chose the Joker stairs. I chose the Joker stairs. This was, mind you, decades before <laughs> people even knew what that was. They were baffled. Um, no, I chose that I would sometimes go to the student union and I chose like getting a soda at the, yeah. where you, get, you pick the cup and you pour the ice and put the, I figured it had like a lot of little specific yeah. gestures. And some of the people, in the, I remember one guy in the class specifically did like walking his dog on a windy day. And I remember thinking, and he didn't get in trouble for this. Or, like I'm like, this is hack. This is like I got I get trapped in a box every day. Right. It was like you're just doing like a standard mime routine. Right. You don't walk your dog on a windy day. Every day is like a rote thing. Like just yeah. and you, you know, like good job. I was like, and. I got up and did mine, and mine was way more low key than was anybody else. Was he being else's. like pulled by the dog and also yeah. having to like yeah, like wrestling with it and yeah, yeah. and uh, I did mine, and this acting teacher said, uh, and mine didn't have any like fireworks in it. There was no like arc yeah. to it. There's nothing. Like, it was just very like, but it was very accurate and very real. It also wasn't like I didn't think the goal of this was to be entertaining. Yeah. Like, we're in acting class. This isn't like, we're not putting on shows yeah. for people. We're trying to learn how to do various things acting-wise. And so this acting teacher said, now, Connor, 
your acting style is as much about what you're concealing as what you're revealing. I said, um, I don't know. I think it depends. Like, but yeah, I certainly think there's like, I think there's value in that, like being able to do that because, uh, you know, I, I like didn't agree with the full premise of it, but yeah. I was like, I get what you're saying. And he goes, and that's not really the best way to do it, is it? And I'm thinking like, oh, wow, fuck you. Like, I was just like, right. I'm thinking like, and I, and I said in response to him, uh, well, I think that's how people are, though. Like, I think what people are trying not to reveal is the interesting part of behavior often. Right. Uh, I think that's as interesting as like, like, I don't think the most interesting parts of, of, of like, like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. I don't think the most interesting parts of it are the things where it's like, yeah, this is what he wants to convey. I think it's the things that that character is trying to hold inside. I think it's that, like, I think that's like, the thought behind the, the subtext. Like, I just think, like, subtext right. is at least as interesting as, as what you're doing with the text. Right. Um, I remember, and that was a moment where I remember thinking, like, I don't like acting class. Right. Because this is just, like, I fundamentally don't agree with what you just said about acting. Right. And I wish that there was more focus when I had taken acting classes. I wish there was more focus on just the practical element. This is tying back to what you're saying of how I think a lot of a good actor's job is disguising the fact that we like planned on doing any of this. Right. That like so much thought and work went into like that moment of Adam Driver. It's like, well, we have to tell the audience what, the CTC or whatever yeah. it is. But it's hard because we don't have a point of view character who works in this organization who doesn't know what that is already. So it's like... Uh, and it's like a hack to have him be like, yeah, we know, the CTC. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we all work here. Uh, uh, yeah. We all work here. Like, yeah. maybe we had a little joke there where like one of them's like, uh, Kyle, we know. You're the new guy, not us. Yeah. What a great line of dialogue that would be in a serious movie. You're the new guy, not us. Stop telling us things we already know. Um, but like a writer making like a graceful decision, like uh, the writer's trying to be as like graceful as possible. Like we got to convey this information. Right. And then you're like relying on the actor to be like, we just need the actor to sell it. So it's like what a real person would say. Right. We got to make it seem like he's thinking of it. Like, I would love. I would have loved it if there had been an acting class that was a little bit more focused on, like making how to make it seem like you're thinking of the things that you planned on saying. Right. Because that's like the one of the hardest things is like. Uh, like I always hate. I, there's a moment that I always think of, which is the, um, uh, Melanie Griffith in. She was in a movie with Michael Douglas. Was like shining through or something like that, and in the trailer for it there was a scene i never saw the movie but in the uh it was one of those things where he asks her to describe everything in the room yeah and without looking around she like rambles off this speech that lists everything in the room and then it ends with like a burn on him where it's like you know like 
five paintings of ducks, one this, a book, a copy of this book. It's uh, signed yeah. by the author. All these things, and then at the end of it, it's like a burn on him where it's like, and a man who's really a wolf in sheep's clothing who doesn't know what the score is, or, you right. know, and. When I, saw, when I see scenes like that that are obviously, like, the writer worked very hard to write the perfect yeah. list of burns, and then they actually, like, learn the lines and, like, set them like they're so confident. But they don't seem thought of. They don't seem like... Yeah. Uh, like, one actor that I've always been kind of impressed by, I think Matt Damon, when Matt Damon has to play someone who's, like, knows a lot about something. Yeah. He seems like he really does. Right. Like, when he has to play, like, a really smart guy who's, like, learned a bunch of stuff, he seems like... And I don't know whether he does or not. Yeah. But he's good at like conveying so that when he's explaining something to someone, you're like, yeah, I believe that that guy knows all these things. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, and it's also different styles because there is a, a cinematic style where it isn't about making you believe that this is real. And it is more theatrical and... yeah. It is those speeches and those things, and part of that, it's like a song that you just want, like, you know, you're just getting into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tying back to The Irishman, what I was going to say is, have you been following at all the what is cinema conversation? Uh, this is the Scorsese Marvel oh, yes. conversation. I mean, no. Because I think that's happening mostly on social media. Yeah, and you're notoriously, and I, famously. notoriously, famously now out of that loop. Yeah, but um, what I'll say at the beginning of it before we even get I into heard it. that he had some quote where he was like, "Marvel movies aren't cinema." Yes, and people were like mad. People got mad, and people have been taking team sides. The main thing that so I'll say at the beginning of it that I don't like about it as a conversation. Uh-huh. I don't mind it. I actually think that. That I, I think that part of the reason for it, him continuing it, because he wrote like an op-ed for the New York Times, is that like the New York Times wasn't going to let him write an op-ed that just was like, go see the Irishman. Yeah, exactly. I think he's being quite canny about the fact that it's like, he's saying what he thinks about movies, but he also knows that, like, what I don't like about it is, it reminds me of the conversation that I always got annoyed with at both schools I went to, both in when I was a drama major in Columbia and then when I went yeah. to drama school in England, is you'd have these like classes where they'd be like, what is art? Right. And they're like, if someone drops a napkin on the ground and says it's art, is it? Right. And then people would really get into like whether it was art or not. And I was like, I don't like this conversation because I think it's boring. And my feeling is like if, if a human person does a thing and says this is art, I'm like, fine, it is. Right. I can think it's stupid. I can say I don't like that art. Like if someone was like, right. look at my art. I dropped a napkin on the floor. I'd be like, <laughs> depending on their personality, I think, I'd be, right. I think there's someone who could do that who I'd be like, yeah, it's art. That guy was really yeah. charming the way he did that. You know, like there's an aspect of it that is like, yeah, sure, that's art. Um, and then it's down to like whether you take it seriously or whether it means something to you, whether you like it or not. Yeah. It's all these very personal things. But these definitional things, I think it's really – that I – I think it's actually more interesting to think about, and I hadn't thought about it this way recently. Like, Scorsese's saying, I tried watching Marvel movies. I just couldn't get into them. It's not my thing. It's more like a theme park. Like, I don't have any objection to any of those things. But then he's like, it's not cinema. 
And I'm like, even if you said it's not high art or it's not great cinema, like, I don't have a problem, but it's like, it's not cinema. I'm like, well, you're getting into a weird territory where it's like, it's a, it's a gatekeeper thing beyond, uh, it's almost like a sort of like a right to exist sort of thing or like a, uh, it's so, it's so like definitionally exclusionary in a way that it's like, uh, also excludes things that he does can't like it's one of those things where it's like it's no longer personal it's like i'm declaring that these aren't cinema right and people always say the thing about like oh is like piss christ is that art like you put a a crucifix in a jar of like what looks like piss is that really art but nobody questions that if somebody paints a river or a field right that that's art and like so really if someone does a million paintings of a field every painting of a field is art like, what could be more boring if someone was like, look at all these paintings of fields. And they're just like, as far as the eye could right. see, that you'd be like, they're all art. You'd be like, they can't all be. Can they? Like, if you really start, like, I'm like, I, I'm waiting for someone to, like, drop a napkin on the ground. Yeah. Just because it would be like, oh, my God. I've seen so many paintings of fields. We know how to do it. Someone put Jesus in some piss. Yeah, please. That's at least like, oh, a fun surprise. Yeah. And it is interesting that nobody questions that a painting is art. Right. And if it looks like a field, it's definitely art. Right. And that, once you go at it from the other direction, then you suddenly realize how meaningless the whole... Well, here's, here's why these conversations... Happen. No, I think can be silly. is because yeah. they are debating a thing that you will never encounter in your life. Name me a situation where you have to determine whether something is art or not that is not just a philosophical... Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's never... It's... There is not a situation yeah. where you have to go, wait, wait, wait. Did we just watch cinema or not? Yes. Like, that just doesn't you exist. You like it or you don't. So the whole thing is meant to be a philosophical exercise yeah. for the sake of being a philosophical exercise. But what I like is when you start thinking of, there's certain, que- if the question for something seems weird. Yeah. Like, if, if a question, like, if you have a weird feeling about a big question that's being asked, yeah. I think it's interesting to try to figure out, is there a back door to this question? Because, like, the thing about, nobody questions that a painting of a field is art. Even right. though the more you see of those, the more boring it is, the more it starts to feel like... Well, like, here's the, here's the question. Yeah. Like, to use the same logic, it's like, okay, so Marvel movies aren't cinema. Yeah. But uh, the early Lumiere films, where they're just filming people coming out of factory, is right. that cinema? Yes. Because it's really just people leaving work, a still shot of it. Is that yeah. cinema? Is that what we're saying? Cinema? And yeah. so I think Scorsese would be like, yeah, of course the Lumiere, like that was cinema. Was, but it's, the yeah. whole point is like... But it's like you like it. Yeah. You're just saying you like it. You're just saying you, you appreciate that. And, and like... What got me thinking in this direction was that John Sayles had a great quote one time where someone was like... I thought you were going to say John Cena, and I was really excited to where it was going to go. <laughs> John Sayles. Uh, I'm in a thing with John Cena that came out this week. Really? That Audible uh, 64th Man series that... Oh, yeah. What is that? It's just a thing. I've done a couple of things for uh, Audible that were like these like scripted series that are coming out. There's one that like Lutz and Peter Gross uh, uh, were doing that I did, had a little part in. That's fun. I don't have an Audible membership at the moment, so I, I and I also don't know. There's so many big names in the 64th Man that I I did a table read for the episodes, and then they asked me to come in and record a couple of parts. But then there's so many big names that are on this thing, so many huge celebrities, yeah. 
and then a list of like 20 names at the end that are like people like me and Michael Cruz came right. and, and stuff like that. That I'm like, I don't know that any character I recorded can still be in this, that they didn't get like Will Forte or someone to come right. in. Right. Because I would, if I had all these other names, I would record over me with a bigger name. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm just credited still because there's maybe a part where I'm like, yeah, or something like that, where it's like, yeah, let's just, everyone who grunted in this thing is still right. in it. But like the scenes where I'm a coach and I'm like acting opposite like recordings of John Cena yeah. acting, I'm like, why wouldn't you? If you can get someone from SNL to do it, why right. wouldn't you just do that? Um, no, but John Sayles, uh, someone was asking him about like making political movies and he's like, everyone says I make political films because I make films that tell like stories of like poor people struggling. Right. But when you, he's like, when you make a film about the idle rich, that's not considered political filmmaking. Right. He's like, I do consider it political filmmaking. You're just showing that like, this, isn't this a nice life or aren't these people kind of fun? Right. It's like, that is political in the same, but like if you show poor people struggling, it's like, oh, you're getting political. Right. And there's that question at the moment that I haven't heard asked before. So it feels like a weird question of should billionaires be allowed to exist? Right. Which there's that great, there's a great clip that was going around where there was someone on, uh, I think on BBC, it was definitely on British television and all of the news anchors were trying to like uh, ask this person, but but you're saying that billionaires shouldn't exist? What about someone who's worked very hard? And this person was like, if they've worked very very hard, they can have you know nine hundred and ninety nine million dollars and right. live a very good life. They don't need to have a billion dollars. There's no re- no one has worked so hard right. that they deserve a billion dollars, no matter what they've created. It's too much money. Right. And they had all, and they were. They kept asking questions that you could tell were like, uh, they thought they really had this person in the crosshairs, and the person just kept asking that. And I started thinking about like, a billion is so much. I started thinking like, if someone said, I'm gonna eat a billion hamburgers, you'd be like, you shouldn't, that's too many. Yeah. No one should eat a billion hamburgers. You'll die. Right. It's ridiculous, like it's a ridiculous amount of hamburgers to have. It's almost like if you have a billion anything and you say, should a person, have a billion, en- yeah. Have a billion anything. You'd be like, absolutely. Should a person celebrate Christmas a billion times? Like, no. I'm going to make a house. They'd waste the rest of their life. They'd never spend a moment not celebrating Christmas. I'm going to make a house out of a billion bricks. No, don't do it. JD, the bricks will have to either be so small <laughs> that they might as well not be bricks, or the house will be too big. But in any case, it'll take too long for you to build it. There's very few things. You have to get to such a finite level before a billion is acceptable. Here's, here's what I think the rule should be. Yeah. Here's the rule. Yeah. You can have as much money as there is something that costs that much money. And I don't mean like a company. I mean like it has to be like an object, a thing. Right. <laughs> like there has to be a thing that costs that much money. Um, like, it has to be an object? Yes. What's the most expensive single object that you can know, think, I'm trying of? To think of now? Because, <laughs> like, like a child, my brain is going to like a ruby, but it's like that's not how. Like, yeah, it's probably some like industrial machine. It's probably like the Large Hadron Collider or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> but even that, I bet, doesn't cost a billion dollars. The uh, yeah, and it can't be an abs. It can't be a. It can't be a thing that's like Medicaid. It can't yeah. be like. Uh, it has to be a thing that you can. Or hold. It can't be like Amazon or whatever. It right. has to be something. It, it can't be, be a collection it, of things. It has, to, it has to be something that you can choose to throw away. <laughs> but it's an interesting question because you have to be able to launch it into space, whatever it is. 
I... Why well, I thought recently which Wait, was... Wait, but so how does this connect to... Because I think that's a question you can't backdoor quite the same way as what is cinema, what is art. Well, I think in the same sense that, like, uh, you can... Like, the, the backdoor to art is, like, a, a napkin dropped on the floor. Is that art? And people will be like, no, absolutely not art. But then there are some things they are like, well, let's look at the things that are for are sure automatically art. Yes. art. And now imagine that there are so many of them. Can there be so many of them that you'd be, like, bored by it? Oh, like, so- why is it that there's, like... Why is it that a painting of a field is automatically art? Because if I did that many of them, it's all art? It seems, like, so lazy and so uninspired and so, like, that it's like, well, you start getting hungry for the idea of, like, guess what? This movie stub that I covered in my own menstrual blood is art. Right. You'd be like, it is more interesting than a, you know, the thousandth painting of a field. Well, I think the the question, I think it becomes, what you're getting at, I think, which is interesting, is that, Oftentimes when people ask these philosophical categorization questions, mm-hmm. what they're really getting at is, this is something that I don't like. Yeah. And because I don't like this, um, do, I have to, do I have to consider this the same categories of things that I do like? Right. And so the way to subvert that is to go to something that is for sure in that category, but that they also probably don't like or are bored by to the same extent that they would be um, whatever stressed out by this thing that they don't like yeah so like what's the analogy of like but is that comedy yeah that's interesting I mean because I mean I know that I've done shows that there'd be people who'd be like that wasn't very funny even if I thought it was a good show, there'd be people like, I didn't like it, or I didn't, you know, that right. it's, it's so, you know, it's interesting because, like, there was the whole uh, SNL thing that happened recently, which was, I think, a very interesting snapshot moment. Right. Where, uh, and I don't want to get into all the particulars of it, but, like, yeah, that's not... a lot of it, a lot of it came down to, like, uh, the, the I was interested. The part that I was interested in was there was the aspect of like, uh, uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, um, like talk about pushing boundaries and people liking or not liking different kinds of comedy. And you see that argument about like, uh, well, this person's like, I hate this person or whatever. Right. Which is like, everybody's always had, like there are comedians who are very popular that people are like, I don't like this comedian. And they might be the most popular comedian in the country. And you just don't like them for whatever reason. And there's no reason that you have to. Like there's, uh, I actually thought that in a, in an interesting way, the I thought those were animals in your backyard, but those were just black plastic bags blowing around in the wind. Let's because there's, there's three of them, so I was like, are there oh, yeah, three they, like, black they bunnies like, or something that are? Yeah, and they're sort of they move a little bit in they, a way that looks like them like feasting on the grass. How long have those bags been there? Don't know. Because I feel like it, it would take a lot to get them out of your backyard. Yeah, it I, wouldn't take much for them to just blow around forever. Well, so if you look. Mm-hmm. This actually turns into this bizarre sort of wind tunnel because there are these alleyways that stretch out to the mm-hmm. street. Right. 
sort of on all sides, and so like wind collects in here. Yeah. So I think a lot of garbage does blow into my backyard. It's interesting. Um, well, here's what I was saying. So there was the whole thing where there was the guy, Shane Gillis, yeah. who got hired by Saturday Night Live and then fired by Saturday Night Live because people heard things on his podcast and things that they were offended by, didn't like, yeah. whatever. Which had me thinking about the fact that we record so much that there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if I've ever said anything on this podcast that would age badly. I don't. Think, I think stuff that would age badly, but not stuff. But that not would. stuff that would ruin my career or whatever. Yes. Um, stuff that you'd look back at. And here's the difference too. Yeah. Is that again not to get into the folds of this? Yes. But if something like that did happen, you yeah. would profusely apologize <laughs> and I would beg, take on beg. I beg your forgiveness for and it. take on. I do not stand by anything I've ever said on this. I feel like you would take on so much shame yeah, and yeah. self-awareness, yeah. which I think that was part of the thing. Um, but what was interesting to me culturally about it was that the... So there was this, like... Uh, and I don't know that it, it... Here's an interesting thing. that There have been... I've seen references to it made at shows at like UCB where it's cl- in shows where someone will make a reference and it's clear where someone like mentioned it, just even like bantering to the audience or something. Right. And it's clear that most of the audience has no idea. Uh, oh, really? What's being talked about. So in, the, in some circles, this was a very big deal. In most circles, they don't know who was fired from SNL before they even saw them. You know right. what I mean? That like it's. Yes. For some people. Which like, makes sense. Because it's like Why a, would people? <laughs> it's an inside baseball story that feels huge. It is huge in some circles, and there are some people who are very aware of it because it's like become a, right. like a political thing. But what was interesting to me was that the the version of because it was like there was like talk that this comedian was like, uh, oh, this is going to be like. Uh, a balancing out because the show has been like anti-Trump in a lot of ways and this was going to be someone who would have more red state appeal even though he's not like a Trump guy. And there was a part of me that was like, sometimes people go on SNL and there have been very talented people who have gone on SNL and just it's not the right show for them. It's like not the right... Sometimes someone goes on SNL and it's like magic. It's like they immediately like find their groove and it becomes a great showcase for them and it makes them a star. And there's other people... Even people who've later gone on to be... Like, Chris Rock, Chris Rock was not, like, a big hit on SNL. He never yeah. really caught fire on SNL. It was only after SNL that he became, like, Chris Rock. Right. And in the sense of, like, even when, like, he was doing his, his HBO show, I remember it feeling like, oh, like, he's really, like, catching on now in a way right. that didn't seem to happen. Because it was like, oh, sketch is not as big a thing for him as stand-up. It's just, like, right. his voice. Uh, but it made me wonder that, like, if I was, if I was in the position of being someone who, like, he could have easily, Shangulus could have easily gone on SNL and been featured three times in the season. Yes. Uh, with something that, you know, would have been like, and now to talk about this summer's movies, uh, here on Weekend Update. Right. There have been tons of people over the past, you know, 40 years, whatever, who've 
done a handful of like weekend update bits and a few things in sketches. Or it's like, it's like someone who I think we both love, John Milheiser, who it's uh-huh. like, I think most people wouldn't have any idea that he was on SNL. Yeah, because he was like a little part in a sketch here, a little part in a sketch here, a little bit here. There are people who've been on the show in the past year, past few years, who their first big laugh they got was that they do a reference to them like six episodes in. And they're like, here's the new guy that we've never featured or whatever. Yeah. And they'll like make a joke about how like, how right. little they've been featured on the show. Uh, getting like notoriously fired from the show before appearing on it is like, I was thinking about it from like a career point of view. Like if I was that person, right. I would be like, you know what? I would rather get fired before appearing and be this like news story where it's like they hired me and then they fired me. Right. Then be on the show for a year and not get noticed and then get like quietly right. not renewed. Because if I, from a career point of view, if I was that person, I would be like, well, for, I'll forever be the guy who was like too hot for SNL. Well, Connor, here's your chance. We're live on a podcast. Well, let me tell you what I think of <laughs> just like, but you know what I mean? Like, it's an interesting moment. I was fascinated by that aspect of it because I was like, there are people who... Uh, it's sort of like the, like, you can have one marshmallow now or wait and maybe get two later, but also yeah. maybe the marshmallows will go away entirely. Where it's like, yeah. in a way, that person sort of got one marshmallow I'll take now. one marshmallow now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it, we live in interesting times, I think. I um, think they're boring. You think they're boring? I want new times. No, I'm kidding. Um, what was I... There was something that we are... Oh. Cinema? What are the iconic moments from TV shows uh, that are the moments that would and other times been the iconic moments from film? Probably stuff from Breaking Bad, stuff from Game of Thrones, stuff from... I'm the one who knocks. I'm the one who knocks, yeah. Um, the... Well, it's interesting because, like, for some things, like, uh, The Simpsons have, like, a decade of, like, really iconic moments, and I think it's harder and harder. Like, I think it would be very hard, I think, for The Simpsons to do a thing now that would become huge. Yeah. Just because it's, like, there's so much of it that... um... Because I don't even mean, like, The Office. I mean, like, stuff that... Moments, yeah. I think you're right. It's, like, moments that... People know about whether or not they've even seen it. Because, um, like, I'm the one who knocks, and the Red Wedding, and I'm trying to think of other things, especially things that I haven't really seen, because I think that's a good indicator. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Stra- the Upside Down, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the moment Stranger Things is, though. The what? I don't know what the moment is. The Christmas lights? Christmas lights and the upside down and uh, Eggo waffles. Right. Um, uh, uh, Hopper dancing, like stuff like that. There are like moments where it's like uh, 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 David Harbour like puts on a record and does this like little right. dance that like you've seen that. Well, right. you might not have seen it because it's the biggest thing on social media. Oh, I haven't seen that. Um, when you said that, I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, um, what are the other big, uh, the finale of, uh, Mozart in the Jungle? No, I'm kidding. Um, 
But you know how like I feel like a lot of things that would have been movies in the past are now TV shows. You're right. There's another thing that I found very interesting. From, in the Loop versus Veep. Uh, yeah, from uh, Scorsese talking about things because I think I've I've I'm sure I've mentioned my the Shutter Island thing before. Yeah, which is that the realization when there's the the moment where Leonardo where he does like the point of view yeah. God from above shot that making me very sad because I was like, oh, of course Scorsese doesn't have time to watch The Simpsons or he would have known that that joke has been like, that shot has been burned by pizza commercials and, and right. Family Guy and Simpsons. Like, you can't have a character look up at the camera in the sky and go, no, yeah. as your big dramatic moment right. because it's just been burned. It's like not part of the... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been used. It's been destroyed by comedy. It's no right. longer like the the lift in order to make that dramatic again would would be so heavy. Right. Um, and uh, but and this this was interesting to me because and this you know this brings it back to Wolf of Wall Street a little bit. I read a thing recently about how Scorsese was saying he could, he watched an episode because this thing with Marvel was like I I tried I watched a couple of them and I couldn't get into it. I'm like fair right. enough. Nobody expects you to like watch all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like you watch it and you're like, I get what this is. And it's right. not for me. Makes perfect sense. He said he tried watching the Sopranos and he could only watch one or two episodes of it and he couldn't get into it. Partly that's interesting because he like executive produced uh, Boardwalk Empire, which is like created by one of the Sopranos yeah. like, people. And I found this fascinating because specifically, like I understand him saying Marvel, like I don't want to, yeah. Watch all these. I don't watch 23 movies about superheroes. It doesn't speak to me. Sopranos is so close to the... It is the world he talked about, but his thing specifically was, I couldn't relate to it because I was like, what is this? They're living in these big houses in New Jersey and they're using profanity at the dinner table in front of their daughter. And he's like, it just doesn't speak to me. as like, I don't know that world. That's not the world I'm familiar with. I don't understand that because yeah that doesn't it doesn't track for me i I could be i i would understand it more if he was like i've done so much stuff about the mafia that it just didn't feel i don't want to watch someone else's thing about the mafia i didn't it didn't feel right to me i wasn't into it or even i don't like those things but he was like i don't get it it's not the world that i like because to me it's not like if Francis Ford Coppola said that, maybe I'd be like, yes, his version of the mafia is this old operatic sort of right. thing. But Scorsese specifically, like Sopranos is on a continuum that includes like Goodfellas is about like the mafia used to be cool and now I'm in witness protection. This is yeah. bullshit. The casino was like we had Vegas and we lost it. And now it's Disneyland. Right. And... Wolf of Wall Street pushes past a little bit to be like, we're like the new gangsters, which is like these like assholes on Wall Street who are, uh, don't know what they're do- even messing with. And they end up in these like country club prisons. But also it's a, that's a sort of a funny, te- it's a funny telling thing to say if you're someone to be like, listen, I just, I, I, I haven't experienced that so I can't watch it. Because then it's like you look at all the stuff that he's made and the stuff that he likes and be like, so then are you saying... You have done all this other stuff, like are like, yeah, yeah. Because he's not in the mafia; he's just made all these mafia right. things. But it, to me, it's a are weird. Are you saying that um, 
What's the... you saying Hugo? You knew what it was... Yeah. Shutter Island yeah. makes more sense to you than The Sopranos. You know, like, it doesn't... Uh... Probably It was probably him just finding a nice way to say, say that yeah. he didn't like it. But it's interesting to me because, to me, like, the... The... Um, I've probably... I was thinking recently about, and I've, I'm sure I've told the, talked to you about this on the podcast before, the guy that I went to uh, high school with, uh, James Cowan, who murdered his wife. Yeah. And it was the, there was covered nationally as a news story because he had like poisoned her with uh, antifreeze in her Gatorade and then uh, was like, he was convicted because they found out all these lies he told and specifically they found out that she had left, she had told people like, he's encouraging me to drink Gatorade for electrolytes. Uh, right. And it was, and then he had like Googled how to kill human being uh, undetectable or whatever. And uh, they arrested him because he was a, he moved back to my hometown and took up his old job, but he was a disc jockey at the radio station. Oh my God. And they arrested so him at the radio station like, they went when he was on the radio and they like arrested him as soon as he was off the air. And I was like, wait, have you heard that last broadcast? I haven't. No, but they went and got him to the radio station. And my question was, that'd be a very fascinating broadcast. Did they, well, it's a very like law and order, any law and order where they've arrested a guy who's on a radio show, they do it at the radio station. You know what I mean? It's like one of those moments where it's like, yeah. And I'm like, is that, did they do that because they've seen it? on TV so many times, or is it just like, that's a smart thing to do, which is like, he works at a radio station. We know he's going to be there. We know he's going to be there. We can confirm that he's there because we can hear he's on the air. Yeah, like, is it just the smartest way that we know he's in a little radio booth? He probably doesn't have weapons or things, yeah. It's easier than like, let's go to his home where he might have a gun or we don't know what room he's in or whatever. Right. So there's all these things about, well, are these things that we're doing them because they're smart, or is there an element of we're doing them because... We're repeating this stuff that it's like, oh, that'll be dramatic, and we've seen it on TV. And I think Sopranos is a really interesting I like the idea show. that like, cops are like, ooh, that would be dramatic. Well, there is that thing of like m- the mobsters of the Tony Soprano age right. watched every mafia movie that everybody else watched, right? And they thought it was cool. And so it's true. How what you're saying? How uh, the yeah. culture, you know, mobsters quote Goodfellas. They quote Sopranos now, you know, that like these are as popular in the world as they are outside of the world. And it makes you wonder, like, how many cops, uh, there was that horrible video a few years ago where there was that cop who like arrested a bunch of like, it was like black teenagers in Texas at a pool party or something. And he does this like dumb roll across the grass. He's like screaming at them and he's like pointing his gun. Right. And at one point he like, drops to the ground and does like a really clumsy roll. Right. And it's like, this guy's watched too many movies about what a cop is. So you saying you think that someone might see Joker and... Dance on those stairs? And dance on those stairs. I know for a fact. JD, I'm going to confess something to you. Okay. I don't follow a lot of uh, hashtags on Instagram. Okay. I don't make a habit of it. And I won't follow it forever. But I did follow the Joker Stairs hashtag on Instagram. Really? I was just... I was looking to see... Oh my see god, Connor's pulling a gun out on me right now. <laughs> I didn't notice he's got white makeup on this whole time. JD. 
why. So, Sirius XM <laughs> Radio. That's a different joker. Yeah, I know. What's his, what's his thing? What's uh, Joaquin's catchphrase? Yeah. I don't know if he has a catchphrase, does he? He's, there, I think there was something. Um, Anyways, I interrupted you. It was mostly just because I was like, when I started, I was looking to see, like, oh, people are doing all of these um, photos, and I was curious to see what what people were doing and who was being, so some people are being very creative, and some people are just, like, literally, like, let's take a selfie on these stairs. Right. And then some people are going to the effort of, like, no, no, I fully dressed as the Joker, and I'm going there to dance on the stairs. That's weird. Um, if someone's fully dressing as the Joker and going to dance on those stairs, they should be questioned. Um, not, not because I think they're committing a crime, but because I think they're just like they're probably off in a lot of ways. This is uh, possibly sexist. What I'm about to say. Okay. It feels worse when it's a dude. I don't know why. When you see like uh, a young woman who's dressed as a Joker and gone to the Joker stairs, for some reason it bothers me less. Um, is that wrong of me? No, because I think I think uh, there's a lot more latent male aggression, and That's I think that. You can feel, I, I've talked about this before, is um, I have a friend who is... Uh, this is a blind item. This is a blind item. Okay. Do not try to guess our blind items unless we ask you to. This is actually a real, this isn't, this is someone that no one would know. They're not a you'll public person. N- you'll but, never guess. We'll save this bit for another because right, I know. I'm about to say I, I, have a, I, have a fr- I have a friend who uh, went through a transition. Gotcha. Gender transition. A bit over. Uh, he, that's what I was like. I was like, yeah. uh, I and, didn't know what JD was going to say. I know. Because this, we don't script these podcasts. We're just talking here. But look how easy it is to stop making a joke of something when you just decide to. <laughs> exactly. Look, you can stop anytime you want. I can stop want. whenever I want. And I'm done. Um, and they were transitioning female to male. Mm-hmm. And part of that process is taking what I refer to as T, which is testosterone. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I feel crazy. Like, because, like, you, you start, and I think this, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into this that mm-hmm. isn't just as simple as I'm making it. But it is funny because they're, person was like yeah i like i have moments where i feel more right aggressive moments where i feel these feelings that i don't have that makes me feel crazy to think about the fact that it's just naturally in me right and so i was like i was like i was like yeah it's there's it's it's weird having that in your body because i never think about it i never think about it and now you've got me thinking about it that it's like yeah it's a crazy thing right yeah, and so that's why I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's why it feels worse when there's a guy dancing at Joker stairs because he know they have this like <laughs> evil juice inside of them. Ugh. I've I've completely oversimplified a much more complicated concept, and um, I'm speaking to ex- an experience that I do not know, which is um, going through a gender transition. So I just want to say that I know that I've oversimplified this, and I. Uh, I apologize for oversimplifying anyone's experience, but it was just a funny reflection of that uh, that 
yeah. difference in experiences. And I think sometimes there is that, it's, it's like, uh, it is a hack thing to say that is often said by people that are saying it for the wrong reasons or are saying it um, to marginalize people. But I think it is also interesting to recognize that, like, yeah, there are differences between people that have biological differences, whether it be testosterone and estrogen or truly just even physically, genetically how you're built, people that are bigger or smaller or taller or shorter. Like, there are things that come with that, both literally physically, but also in terms of psychologically, emotionally. Um, and I think that stuff's actually interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, here's something that I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. And this happens to me. And we, we could play this game right now. Yeah. Is that I'm a six... I always laugh because I'm like a six foot four yeah. white, mostly straight male who has never you know, had to worry so much about money. Mm-hmm. And so I have, like, all these privileges and things like that. Yeah. And in a very simple way, just taking my height, though, I'm like, the way that my life has unfolded because of my height is totally different than other people's. And something I laugh about is, like, sometimes I will get down to other people's heights, and mm-hmm. I, will, I will be amazed at how friends of mine look when right. I'm shorter than I am. Yeah. Like if I... There's people that you look tall to. Right. And you would never look tall to me. I never look tall to you. Connor's on his phone. I never look tall to you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. you. It's okay that you're on your phone, Connor. Because I got to get get information for our podcast. I know. Um, Oh, wait. Here, take a deep breath real quick. (gasps) (sighs) Ah. That was like... There's like 20 seconds that you just missed out on. Yeah, uh, JD changed the batteries. On the recorder. On the recorder. Um, Okay, how do I do this is the question. We've done this podcast for six years, and I still can't figure out. There's not a piece of a a bag yet Mm -hmm. that fits this gear in a way that I like. Maybe there just isn't such a thing. One project for today is making sure that I don't lose my umbrella. Okay. It's going to rain. Oh, it is? Yeah. Fuck. Why do you have to use that kind of language? <laughs> um, well, I guess it's going to be a short 12-hour day. Connor and I have... have fallen out. Irreconcilable differences. Um... Do you have an umbrella, JD? I do. Do they make them for people as tall as you? Okay. You know what? This you is said what we're you just never talking. thought I'm tall. <laughs> you don't actually know what I was saying because you're so focused on your phone. No, you said you never think of me as tall. <laughs> that was the last part of a whole thing I was talking about. Yeah. I was talking about how... People look different to you when you squat down to look <laughs> at... You're still... You're circling around that last sentence. The yeah. Only... No, no, you say sometimes... <laughs> You'll squat down. Yeah, I know. That's the last sentence that you're circling around over and over again. Why? What, am I, what did I miss? 
You missed. It was a whole thing about gender differences and how. No, I heard all of that. I don't have any objection. You said I maybe uh, apologize for if I'm simplifying uh, anyone's situation. I heard everything you were saying. I don't have any problem with that. The reason I'm circling around it is because, uh, as a person of height, you said okay, that sometimes now. you like to squat down and see the world from the point of view, and then you say you never think of me as a tall person. Is that true? Yes. Because you're taller than me. Yes, because I'm So it's like a billionaire doesn't think of a millionaire as rich. <laughs> okay. Now, right? you're, now you're making up for... No, isn't that true? You're making up for tuning out for a minute. I didn't tune out. At I me. used the bathroom, but I listened the whole time that you were talking. Yes, during the bathroom. Then when you were over there on the phone, you were no, tuned out. I wasn't tuned out. Connor? I really wasn't. I truly wasn't. I truly wasn't tuned out. Uh, I may have looked like I was tuned out, but I wasn't tuned out. And you said you didn't think of me as tall, ever. Can I just turn on a channel in the middle of recording? Let's see. Does this work? Test, 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 test. Three, 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 three. No, I can't. Okay, good to know. I can't just turn on the channel. Okay, that's fine. How do I do this, though, is the question. Fuck me. Um, do oh, you have an umbrella? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have multiple ones. Okay. You're going to be battery man. Yeah, I can put battery in my uh, bag. Yeah, so th- this is yours to carry. Okay, just a bag of loose batteries. You're gonna have the good bag, the bad bag, and uh, this is the bad bag. It has an X on it. it. Says bad. Yeah, this is where you put batteries that you don't want to use anymore, right? Yes, you can take those out. We don't need you don't need to carry those. As an example, they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? How do you get rid of your batteries? Well, those are rechargeable. Okay, so where do I put them? You can just put them on that chair. Take the good bag, take the bad bag, and then you can you only have to take, I think, the um Wow those lithium ones. You're literally I don't know if you ever watched the facts of life, but this is the closest to you're literally saying to me You take the good, you take the bad. You take them all and then you had facts of life. Now am I taking these? Uh you just take the top ones. Is this a battery, this plate? No, that's a plate. So just take these top ones. I don't take these duracells. No. Take these energizers? Yes. Have, have we talked before about how angry I still am Uh-oh. over the Energizer battery campaign? Okay. There was the famous Energizer battery campaign where they would do fake commercials, and then the Energizer bunny would run on, would, like, enter, and that's how you'd know you're, you got faked out by these fake commercials. Right. You remember those? I do. We've talked about this before, I'm certain. I'm sure of it. But I'm still angry about it, because this was a great campaign. And rightly so. This is a great campaign that could have lasted forever. There's no point at which I would have gotten tired of being fooled by fake commercials, because it was one of those things where you'd be watching it, and you'd be like, what is this movie? And then you'd hear, boom, 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 and the Energizer bunny would... would right. Come on, and it would just get your things would get your attention, and then you'd realize you got fooled. And it would—it was the perfect ad campaign for the modern era, right? And, and then you, at a certain and point, you love getting got. I love getting got the right way, and there's no victims. It's just simple, simple foolery. Uh, and then they started. Somebody at 
either at Energizer or at the ad agent. Somebody at some point was like, people love this Energizer bunny. So they just started making commercials that featured the Energizer bunny. Right. It was such a mis, uh, understanding of what people liked. Right. And it makes me angry. Um, the facts of life. Yeah. I think that happens a lot where, I mean, I've, I think I've certainly been a part of things like that where you think you know why people like the thing that you're doing and mm-hmm. then you realize quickly that you were way off. Right. Because <laughs> um, sometimes when you're inside the thing, it's hard to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if this works. I'm trying a new bag. That's a, that bag seems like it's 10 times bigger than the bags you normally use. Really? Yeah. So there's another bag that I sometime use, sometimes use. Uh-huh. That is actually much bigger than this bag. But I'm going to try using this bag and see if this works. The problem is I don't think it's as inconspicuous. JD, I think this is pretty JD, good. I've already alerted you that this is big news, but I haven't really gotten your take on this it. This is pretty good, right? Yeah, it looks heavier than what you normally have, but... This looks heavier than I normally have? Yeah, because I've never been a battery man. You used to carry batteries, too. Yeah, because it was a bigger bag before. No, I think it was a smaller bag. Connor, think of the logic. I know. That's No, what I'm saying is this is crazy. Because that bag you're carrying looks bigger than what you normally have. Looks right. like more gear. And I'm even taking some of it. I could right. be wrong. I have been before, JD. I think you're wrong. I'm not perfect, and I never claim to be. But I do have big news. Okay. In the world of this podcast. Oh, wow. And you know what this is, because I gave you a little sneak. Squirrel, squirrel, look. Oh, yeah, he comes in. Right by your window. Oh, I'm going to see if I can get that squirrel. Bo, co, bo, co. Now he's gone. No, he's right below. You could walk up to there. You can walk up to the window and he won't see you. Really? I think. I'm quite certain. Is he there? I don't think he's there. I don't see him. This is the bag I've used in the past. What's the bag you've used in the past? This one. Maybe I'd go with this one. What do you think? This bag is the one that I've used in the past. Yeah. This is the big news. This song. I keep trying to do super slow motion on my video and it adds this music to it. You know what? I am going to do this bag. Sorry. It's going to take me a minute. That's okay. Wait, what are you doing right now? I was trying to take slow motion of that squirrel. 
But what's this music? It adds music, like, as an option. Inst- was that Instagram? No, it was just my phone. <laughs> what? If you do super slow motion on the camera on my phone, it'll, it'll add music. Now, you can just take the music off, but, like... That's so odd. I think it's, in, it, it's like an option instead of the sound being like... Oh, I see. You know. Got it, got it, got it. It's like a more pleasant thing for the camera to default to than the sound on your microphone recording in super slow motion. Yes. Um, here's my news, and I previewed it by... I messaged you last week. I watched a little bit of the Sesame Street 50th oh, anniversary oh, special. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I and... This. Specifically, I was looking because Elvis Costello sings uh, Being Green, otherwise known as It Ain't Easy, Being Green. Which is right up your alley. Um, and it was him singing it with, he was duetting with Kermit the Frog. Right. Long time, this is big news. Long time viewer listeners of this podcast will not be surprised. Uh, you, probably can, you probably think you can see where this is going because I, since... Since the passing of Jim Henson, I have struggled with being able to enjoy Kermit the Frogs that have followed in Jim Henson's wake. Because Jim Henson was Kermit the Frog to me, and everyone else has sounded like um, a different character. Like, sometimes like a good imitation, but it's, it's just as hard for me because it was one of those examples where the personality of the person was so closely connected in my I just couldn't get past it right even though like I probably enjoyed I know a lot of people really ha- struggled with like the ABC sitcom of the Muppets that was on and in some ways I probably was able to enjoy that a little bit more than some other people were I was able to like take what I liked from it and kind of ignore whatever I f- didn't care right. for you know um, but I've had a problem since you know it really is just like being sad that Jim Henson is gone and the characters he did, particularly characters like Ernie or Kermit, who really sounded like him, you know, really right. like he would be on a talk show with Kermit and it was, you know, very little daylight between Jim Henson saying something to you and Kermit the Frog saying something to you in terms of what the voices really sounded like. It was right. like a slight difference. <clears throat> and so... And this isn't intended as like, uh, this isn't intended as like an it's not cinema level proclamation. It's more just about my my inability to really like relax. Right. When listening to a Kermit the Frog in like Muppet Christmas Carol or any anything since Jim Henson died, so I was seeing oh Elvis Costello is going to sing Being Green with quote unquote Kermit the Frog. And my honest reaction was, ah, I kind of wish it was just Elvis Costello singing Being Green, just like a right. simple performance of that. Uh, or me wishing that this was like Elvis Costello in like 1986 singing it with Jim Henson, you know, like right. that you could like go back in a time machine and because I would love that, you know. And so I went to watch it going in with that sort of like, oh, well. Yeah, like, okay. I was genuinely shocked by how good the current Kermit the Frog is. It's Matt Vogel. 
uh, is the voice of Kermit the Frog. And I don't even know, I'm not even aware of how long, I don't think he's been doing it that long. Right. So I don't know what even like the major works would be that, to seek out that from doing it. But it's just... Patrick would know. It's so... It feels so like relaxed and so... And I may be m- making assumptions. Maybe it's t- tremendously uh, laborious to do. Maybe it takes a lot out of him to do it. You know, I don't right. know. I don't know anything, really. But the, f- the feeling that you get watching... I just watching. know that, like, when I was watching... And it could be, honestly, in the same way that I feel like the people who were, like, angriest about, like, new Star Wars or Disney Star Wars, I often think a lot of times those people, it's like, you don't have a problem with Star Wars. You, this is about you. Right. Uh, and it's manifesting itself by, like, the thing that made me happy as a child is no longer making me happy, therefore it's horrible. As opposed to, like, no, you're, you're a guy who's been divorced and you're in your 40s, and right. a space movie doesn't do the job anymore in the same way that, like, you probably don't like cotton candy as much as you did as a kid, maybe. Right. You know, like, it doesn't, right, or right, maybe right. it doesn't give you the same, like, satisfaction, and that makes you furious. So a lot of the Kermit the Frog issues post-Henson are like a mix of grief and just my own like inability to get past it. Right. Uh, it's not even me being a thing where it's like, I'm never someone who's been like, everyone who's tried to do Kermit since then sucks. Like, it's not a criticism of the yeah. work. It's just my own experience of it. Uh, and... And if I have any strong opinion, it's been the thing that I've said before about how, like, if, like, what would the Muppets be like if instead of, uh, I've always been like an original voice Muppets purist. Right. And my feeling being like, what if the Muppets had been more like SNL, where it's like, instead of like hiring a Bill Murray impersonator, you get Eddie Murphy to join the cast or something. And it's like, we, what if the Muppets had been well, like. Well, they tried that a little bit and it just. Didn't work. They tried a little, but I, 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 what I'm saying is like there should have been a point where it's like every time like a Frank Oz stops doing a voice, it's just like we don't see Cookie Monster again, right? You know, but like unless he comes back to host, you know, um, <laughs> right? And that model might have just been too radical or unworkable or something. But there's a part of me that does wonder about that in terms of like what because you also have people. If you did that, there'd be just as many people who would, you know, you look at SNL and people are like, I haven't liked it since, you know, I was in high school and that's the best cast. Right. That if they'd replaced Muppets, you would have all sorts of people that's like, I miss the real Muppets and these new crazy ones are like not. Right. Which I did. I have done that. Uh Uh-huh. When when they're like, oh, Walter or this or that. I'm like, no. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder, I, I wonder of an alternate, an alternate reality in which. Kermit the Frog hasn't been in the Muppets since the 80s, but they've had like five different turnovers of casts of what Muppets are. That, Mu- that Muppets... Right. I would have been interested if there was a world where the Muppets were uh, more of a universe than like a band of like five main characters and a supporting cast, you know? Um, but I was stunned by how good this Kermit the Frog is. And it felt... It just felt easy and elegant and I don't want to say effortless except in the sense of like um, how it because sometimes effortless feels like a backhanded compliment but what I really mean is like I relaxed listening to it that not that there was not 
effort tremendous for craft and effort and work that goes into it. Can you put in what, what were the? I know you keep, you're saying effortless and but like what are the qualities? What are the things about this Kermit yeah, that make him seem like Kermit again? Did you watch any of it? I didn't. Um, we can maybe do that later. Yeah. I'll in the, in, now, the, if you in want. the same way in the same you way want to just that watch it now? in the same way yeah in the same way that the um, I might have to go into HBO Go I don't know if there's a clip of it online oh got it um, I've got HBO now yeah yeah um, I but I don't have HBO Max that no one has that it doesn't exist yet doesn't it no um, twenty twenty um. I'm very excited because Search Party is going to be on HBO Max, which means there will be at oh, least another great. season of it. And it also means that people will have a way of watching those first two seasons that are, have been a little bit hard to access in the streaming era. It's the 50th? So it's the 50th, yeah. And I think it's like 20 or 20, 28, 38, somewhere around in the 20s or 30s. Um, I, I, like the definition of obscenity where people are like, I know it when I see it. It just felt like I was seeing Kermit. Wait. Okay, here it goes. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, well, you know, I was just stopping by the old pad for the day. I, I couldn't miss the 50th anniversary celebration. Yeah, well, it's just so good to see you again. Yeah, you know, I'm such a big fan. Hi, Kermit. Hi, Kermit. Hi, Frog. You know, I should be up with that. That sounds like a thing to do. All day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Good to see you, Kermit. Good to see you, Joe. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And I think it's why. 
You know, you really couldn't be greener, can't it? Hmm. Thanks, Elvis. And... I mean, if you're listening to it, there's probably, like... It's, it, there's always going to be those little moments where it's like... You can tell it's not exactly Yeah, the same. but here's what I think. Yeah. So... Yeah, it doesn't sound exactly the same. But it feels right. But it feels correct. Yeah. And you want to know what it is? I think it is more the character choices than the voice. Yeah. And something that the most recent Kermit that we've seen Mm -hmm. was this sort of like nouveau Kermit who is like sort of a pill. Mm -hmm. He's like sort of just like rude to everybody or not rude, but like dismissive. He's this, he's a hard, he's a cold straight man. Right. Uh, like in that ABC series and like, it's like, he's almost like, um, I don't even know how to put it. Yeah. He's, he's not a yesing straight man. He has no warmth to him. And I think maybe just even the context of having him singing again. Right. It just makes the, it makes his character make sense in a way that it hasn't in a while. It, it's part of it is I think in the in the there's moments in that that are so relaxed in the same way that Henson was so like lived in right and like just the like even the asides with just Gordon Levitt mm-hmm. like it just feels more when when I'm when I'm coaching improv a thing that I've talked about sometimes to groups is about how when you're doing improv one of the main things an audience wants from you is to not worry about the fact that you're doing improv. They just don't, they want to relax. Right. And the more they're worried about whether or not you're going to be funny is a huge portion of their enjoyment is their comfort level. Yes. Their relaxation with you. And when I listen to that Kermit, when I watch that Kermit, yeah. I'm not tense that... Um, is this how you're going to wear? Yeah, I think so. Put on the shirt a little bit higher. Uh, I'm not tense that he's about to like hit an off yes. tone. Hundred percent. And I don't. Truly, truly, truly. It's like when you watch a juggler, you want to, you want to have, you don't want to be genuinely scared for them. Right. Because it's too hard to enjoy. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that guy. Matt Vogel? Yeah. Uh, but he had, I noticed that he had followed me on Twitter for some reason. So we were following each other. Oh, that's cool. So I watched that performance and I, without even thinking about it, I direct messaged him to just basically say that where I was just like, how like I've had a hard yeah. road with replacement voices for Muppets, but how yeah. extraordinary I thought his That must have been nice characterization for was. Yeah. Uh, and he was very nice. He wrote, he wrote back and he wrote back a very uh, a very nice and a very like um, very appropriate like response where he was like also not throwing any other fellow travelers along right. the way to the bus where he's like everybody who takes the mantle of Kermit on has this uh, yeah. feeling of responsibility and uh, you know like to the character and he, but he's 
he was glad that I had written and that I liked it and everything. But I was just like, I feel like I've, I don't feel like I've uh, been overly n- negative about it. I've just had a hard time with it myself that like, I've never begrudged other people enjoying some people's favorite Muppet thing is Muppet Christmas Carol. Right. And to me, I've never really been able to get into it, even though right. I think there's a lot of great things about it. I think Michael Caine is great in it. Well, I think uh, what's actually interesting is, for me at least, um, it was never the sense that the other people were doing bad. It was a feeling of like, oh, I guess this is just what new Kermits are going to feel like. Right. And so it's interesting to have an experience where you're like oh wait no it can still have that feeling again well it was impossible for me to fully enjoy Muppet Christmas Carol in part because I associate that movie with like this is yeah life carrying on and I wasn't ready to carry on with Muppets who weren't Jim Henson you know what I mean like I when I watch those I feel like uh I'm watching a different thing when I'm watching Frank Oz's Miss Piggy. Right. With a different Kermit or something, you know? Right. And so I always was like, I'm happy that other people are, other generations, they grew up in those were their Muppets, you know? Like, Muppet Treasure Island was their version of the Muppets, you right. know? Um, and... Oh, I have a I have a crazy movie recommendation. Okay. Um, because uh, Disney Plus just came out this week. Also, I'll say we're walking outside. Yeah. It's lightly drizzling. Drizzly. It's that sort of like spittle drizzle. Yeah. Where you could get wet, but it would take a while. And it's probably what forty-eight degrees. Watch out. We say forty-eight degrees overcast. Yeah. Perfect weather. That's not bad. I don't dislike it. Uh, for New York City, uh, you know what I like about this movie? Uh, about this weather? <laughs> what I like about this movie. Yeah. What I like about this weather is that it actually feels like the way that New York is supposed to look. Yes. To me. When it's bright and sunny, I always feel like it doesn't quite look like New York. And th- what I like about this is you're feeling an effect of the weather, but it's not going to ruin your day. Yeah. Something that I've come to realize... Well, so first, I'll say... Jacket with no gloves or hat is great. Mm-hmm. When it gets so cold that you need gloves and a hat or else you're going to die. Right. I'm not okay. Right. The thing that I've come to realize about the winter that I don't like the most. Right. Is not the cold as much as it is the temperature change that happens between inside and outside. Because I can dress for cold, but then when I go inside, I'm hot. See, you and I like... That's my favorite thing about winter, and my least favorite thing about summer, is that what I like in winter is you go outside, and you can layer for outside. And you go in, like, right now I'm wearing trench coat, uh, button-down flannel, right. and a t-shirt. If we go inside and it's hot, I've got a t-shirt on. Right. Uh, what I like is I like being out in the weather where I'm wearing, like, a button-up shirt, and I go outside, and it's perfect. And then I go inside, and it's perfect. And I haven't had to worry about any objects or things that I carry with me. Well, here's what I hate. So you go outside, and it's really hot. So you're like, oh, I'll just wear this T-shirt. Then you go inside, and it's fucking freezing. Yes, but, but guess I what? agree. You didn't, but you didn't bring a coat. 
I agree. I but agree in the winter, in the winter, I think the worst thing is the, the dissonance in temperatures. But the difference between winter and summer is nobody carries around an extra coat for how fucking freezing it is indoors everywhere in summer. Right. But the difference between winter and summer is that in the summer, the difference between temperature is at most 20 degrees on a crazy hot day. And in the winter, the difference in temperature in the inside and outside is like 40 degrees, but 50 degrees. Sometimes even you're outside, 70 degrees. You're outside and it's so hot that your body produces liquid that it squirts out through the holes in your skin. And now you're covered in liquid. Then you get on the train, which is air conditioned to freezing. Yeah. But you're wet and you don't have layers. The layer you produce actually makes you colder. Uh, Imagine if in the winter time, when you're outside, you sweated hot liquid that was so hot that when you went inside and it was hot, you'd feel like you were burning. Okay, I'm on board with you. We made it. We made it. We had to run for that train. Now we're on a train. Um, so, anyway, what I was saying before was that um, in uh, what was I saying before we started talking about the weather? I don't know. About Muppets. Um, your microphone is bad. A little. It's like right on your shirt. How about now? Is there any world that you'd button your shirt? Okay. Wrong way. Yeah, that'd be that. All right. Perfect. Um, Connor said no, there is no world that you'd button your shirt. Um. Oh, movie recommendation. Oh, yeah. So I got Disney Plus this week. This was the first week of Disney Plus. I have not done Disney Plus yet. All right. Should I get Disney Plus? For at least a month. I would, you know. I mean, I'm going to get it. I I even asked that question knowing I'm going to get it. It just depends how much. Like, you might burn through what you like about it real quick, you know. Right. But you could get it now, watch it for a month and get it, you know. Right. With a lot of these services, I sort of think of it in terms of like how much they cost versus like would I go see would I go to the movies and see one of these things a month right and then if it's enough for that then it's like yeah it's like buying a movie ticket right so like I have the Criterion channel thing and I try to watch at least a couple things a month so it's like well if I went to IFC and watched a couple of these things I would pay right. however much this costs and it's worth it in that sense so they have a crazy amount of old Disney movies right they have all the old, like, Disney original movies, like Halloween Town and Brink. Mr. Boogity. I don't know if Mr. Boogity's on it. What's a Disney Boogity. Channel? That's a made-for-TV Disney movie. It's, like, really cheap horror movie. I don't even know if it's on there. Oh, funny. Um, I watched The Shaggy D.A. The Shaggy D.A.? Yeah. Is that a single to Shaggy Dog? Yes. Wait, it is? It is. From the 70s. Okay. Um, here, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but I'll say this. So, The Shaggy Dog was a Fred McMurray movie. 
And the premise of the Shaggy Dog is that it's like a private eye partner, right? No. Maybe, I don't know what the Tim Allen one is like, but the Fred McMurray one, this teenager finds this ring, steals this ring, I think, finds a ring or whatever. I haven't seen Shaggy Dog in a long time, but he puts on the ring or he recites the words on the ring and it turns him into a dog. And Fred McMurray is a, I think a retired postal worker. He's the dad and he hates dogs. Got it. And so it's black and white. It's made in 1959. And my memory of it, I can't confirm it because I haven't, I need to rewatch it. But my memory of it is it's a pretty good movie. Like for a black and white 1959 Disney movie. Right. The Shaggy DA is a sequel. Yeah. Uh, which is also on Disney Plus. Got it. It's a touchstone picture. Shaggy DA. Shaggy DA. Okay, so Fred McMurray was like one of Disney's like main leading men of a certain era. And then he stops being a Disney leading man. And Dean Jones was sort of like the Roger Moore to his Sean Connery. Okay. Like once you get into the Dean Jones era, he sort of became like the dad in a lot of movies. And... So Dean Jones, in 1976, plays the kid who turned into a dog for this brief period in his life in The Shaggy Dog, but now he's like a husband and a father, and he's running for district attorney. Right. And there's uh, some gangsters steal the ring from this museum exhibit and they recite the inscription on it and it turns Dean Jones into a dog again. And so the movie is about trying to find this ring again right? and make it so he doesn't... But it also ties into these gangsters are being protected by the current district attorney who he's running against. There's, There's no a thing that happens in sequels mm -hmm. a lot where I feel like in election, I can't even think of examples of this, but it feels true to me, is that there's a lot of sequels where there's an election at stake. Maybe. Does that feel, like, I feel like a lot of these, like, like... What's weird about... In, like, the 80s, election was, like, the second beat. What's weird about this movie is that it's mostly older men playing all of the parts. Tim Conway is in it. There's very few women in it, very few children in it, very few young people in it. It's mostly older men in this movie. Right. Most of it has to do with, like, crime and corruption and things that a kid would have no interest in. But also, after, uh, before Dean Jones turns into the dog, he hears a report on the radio about the ring being stolen from the museum and uh, his wife is played by Suzanne Plachette from the Bob Newhart show right. and he gives this makes this speech to her about how when he was a teenager he stole a ring and it turned him into a dog sometimes and now he's worried that this ring could turn him into a dog again and it's right. a crazy speech to have in a movie because he hasn't turned into a dog yet it's just like a middle-aged man saying, when I was a boy, I stole a ring, a very old ring, and it turned me into a dog. And this movie is crazy on so many levels. 
And it also is... That should be talking to the do, too. Maybe. Um, but it's also... There's an actor in it that I keep recognizing. He's in an episode of The Twilight Zone, and I thought he was really good in it. The season finale of the first season of The Twilight Zone, there's an episode about a, a writer yeah. who creates... He writes characters, and then they become real, so he keeps creating women, and then when he throws them away, they, they disappear. Right. And, and I was like, who is an actor? And I realized he's Edwin's son. Edwin from like Alice in Wonderland, the... Right. Oh, hello. Oh, who are you? That guy. Right. But he's also in Dr. Strangelove. He's the guy who shoots the Coke machine. When it says like, right. uh, you'll have to answer to the Coca-Cola company. He's also in the movie Nashville. He plays the, I think, Mr. Green, the guy who's Shelley Duvall's dad and is very sad because I think his wife passes away in the movie. I feel like he's got a career that reflects the type of career you'd like. Very much so. And then he's like the villain in the Shaggy DA. And every time he's in a movie, I don't realize it's him until I look him up and realize it's the same guy. What's the biggest role that you've had? Not in terms of... um, necessarily the size of the project but the size of your role in relation to that project I would, and it's like a movie or a TV show I would say without question maybe that uh, uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because right. now that I'm in I can say it now because by the time this comes out it'll be yeah. closer but I'm in the third season of it so that the show is big enough and I'm enough of a presence in it that right. uh, it's a thing that I can identify to people like I am this character in that and they'll be like oh we know what that is Right. Like enough people have seen it, it's wins awards and has like a following that's like. Right. So it's like the first thing that I've done where, because they're, you know, like I could say like Search Party or Orange is the New Black, but like not everyone who's watched Orange is the New Black watched it all the way through. Like so far you've not yet been like the villain or the hero or the. I had, I had an audition for. uh, In like shorts and plays. Yeah. I was I had my first in a while audition to be a series regular on a thing, and because uh, I think you do so good with like I'd love to see what you do with like a character that had like a consistent and predictable for you character arc. Because right. some of your characters do, but like you have to make them up as you go along because you're like, oh, I didn't realize it's going to be in four more episodes. Right. But like, Almost, I love if it was like, oh, you were the villain in this weird movie, and now it's like, you're like, all right, I get the plot. Yeah. I... Yeah, I feel like... Um, we'll see. We're going to Rockabilly Rockabilly yeah. Center, right? I feel like if they bring me back... walk night? Yeah. Okay. I feel like if they bring me back for season four of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel... I feel like I'll... I, I just come back barely in season three, but it's right. enough that they've reintroduced my character to the world of this show. Right. Because I could have been a, a, a one-time thing in season two, and they would never need to revisit me. Now they've actually laid some infrastructure down to re-emerge, have this character re-emerge in-world. Right. In a way that I feel like there's a there's an implicit promise that it's like we wouldn't do this unless you're unless there's like some reason to. Well, that's right. I want to talk to Zach 
about his Succession character? Without spoiling for me, because I still haven't finished season two of Succession. Oh, you know he's in it, though? Yes. Okay. Okay. I've heard a lot of people talk about him being in Succession. Okay, well, there's an interesting thing that... There's one line... Uh, I don't want to get too into it. Have That's you, okay. Have you either. gotten to him at all? No, I'm, I, I like that show, but I'm in, a weird, I'm in a weird funk with shows I like right now. Yeah. Which is, I'm finding it hard to find the time to pay the right kind of attention. Yeah. Because, like, I'm, I'm still... I'm, I'm, and this is not like me. This is very atypical behavior for me to be uh, gradually working my way through like individual episodes of a TV yeah. show like where I'll watch a little of it and then I'll have to pause it. Yeah. Which I'm generally against. I like being able to watch something properly in a sitting. Right. But I'm... Which is such a funny thing to say about a TV show. Yeah. In this day and age. Yeah. Um, so if you had said that like... 20 years ago, people are like, what are you talking about? Or, yeah, if you go back 40 years, it'd be like, how do you, what do you wait till the next summer and watch the rerun? Do you break into the CBS? Yeah. Do you um, remember when it was a big deal? When it was like a novel, crazy event, when a network would be like, we're going to play all the episodes back to back. Uh-huh. And it would be like, their, you know, the whatever marathon. It's going to be like, you can watch sequentially all the episodes. That, and it was like, some still do it. That's still a thing on cable. Yeah, but I just think or it like used holidays. to be so novel, and now it's just how we watch things. Well, now the novel thing is like Sirius XM Radio over, I think it was over Labor Day weekend, they do a thing where the listeners vote on their favorite Beatles songs. Right. And then they play a marathon of the, the ranking. Oh, fun. So... But they, they play it, like, all weekend long on the Beatles channel. It's just, like, when it ends, they start it again. Right. And, you know, you're not going to hear a new Beatles song. But it is the novelty of, like, the order that you're going to hear them in has been determined by a vote. Oh, look, they're making the display windows right now. Oh, boy. We're at Bloomingdale's. Yeah. Walking to Rock Center. Um, it's um, no, but like I'm watching the Watchmen series. Oh yeah, I haven't watched that yet. So I'm really liking it, and the main reason that I wanted to watch it was actually not because I'm like I like Watchmen. I read I hadn't read yeah. it until a few years ago, and. But I'm not, like, I'm not, it's not an important enough thing to me. Like, I wasn't angry about the movie. Like, a lot of people were, like, angry at the movie. Right. I, I really love the opening title sequence of that movie. Right. Which I thought was really clever and well done. Um, this show, the reason I want to watch it is because it's Damon Lindelof doing it, who uh, did Leftovers and Lost. Yeah. And... It takes place decades after the events of Watchmen, and it's really more about like racism in America, right? Than it, like it's sort of like t telling its own story, which is a really like I think clever and kind of innovative way to approach something like this. Which is like we're gonna r rather than adapt this thing, 
we're gonna sort of, like I feel like adaptation of things for television in recent years has gotten very smart. Right. When you think about, I always think adapting novels into feature films is one of the dumber things that happens regularly, which is like, we're yeah. gonna take something that's 500 pages long and make something that's 120, maybe 180 minutes long. Right. So the first thing is like, okay, step one, lose more than half of this thing. Right. Um, but I feel like... Uh, oh, no. What happened? Stupid. I had a little notebook that I was taking notes on. Oh, in case I say something that you have to uh, yeah. bleep later? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, right now, I won't say... Don't. I what? won't. Listen, this is me being a good friend, so appreciate it or you'll regret it. Uh, sorry, I just responded to one text. This is the part of the show where JD responds to one text. Okay, And I'm one back. text only. This is me being a good friend and collaborator, which is, you know the thing I could say that I said a lot of times in the last episode. Yes. I'm not even going to come close to hinting at it. Thank you. You won't even get a... a, a there's nothing you'll have to bleep. Got it. Because I know you don't have the notebook, and I don't want to make more work for you. Yes. I want this episode to come out fresh and clean and without a lot of work for you. Yeah. And I'm not even nervous that I'm going to accidentally say something that you're going to then be like, oh, you did it. I'm not. Moving past it. Um, but in any case, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, as an act of adaptation it's so fascinating I think you would really appreciate the way that they're like I feel like it's the kind of thing you would do which is like rather than adapt this beloved work right. of literature doing a like well if this is true what else is true so many decades past the events of the original thing that it almost takes away the sequel feeling of it it's just like we're going to do a thing that exists in the same world where all these things happened right. but we're going to tell a completely new fresh story uh, it's almost as if like like if the new uh, even though I like all the new Star Wars movies almost as if like they had moved so far past them that like Luke Skywalker would just be a memory that they would yes. you hear him mention once and that's it just like exists in the world which I was sort world. of hoping that's what these the new movies were going to be um, but I'm very I'm very excited to see what the what the new one's going to be like, especially especially we're not going to won't talk about the Mandalorian that much because you haven't seen it I yet. I've seen it, and yeah, yeah. And you are you probably already have been spoiled for some of it. Yeah, but I'm not truly. Yeah. I'm not a person that is worried about spoilers. It, they don't bother me. Okay. In fact, really? I, I've come to realize that my enjoyment of something, unless it's like the whole fun. Right. Is that you hint if it's the sixth sense? Yeah, where it hinges on it. But even then, I still don't think I'm someone who I'm bothered by because I'm still able to enjoy something even if I know what's going to happen. I will say this: I went into Parasite not knowing really anything about it. Yeah, I actually don't know anything about it either. And I'm not going to say anything about it because I didn't even really know what kind of movie it was. I right. just knew that people were liking it. Right. And that that was. A big part of my enjoyment of it, I would have enjoyed it anyway, but a big part of my enjoyment of it was specifically how rare it is to be able to watch something and not 
know what you're watching until it unfolds. Well, that was my experience with the report. It's because I went with somebody, mm-hmm. and like and I said, it wasn't your choice. It was what you ended right. up at. And we lit, neither of us knew anything about. I was like, I think Adam Driver's in this, and I was <laughs> like, I don't know what genre it is. Yeah. I don't know how long it is, what it's about, and we sat there, and it was like sort of fun because the opening titles, one of them is a Vice title card, and I was yeah. like, Vice, what is this then? Yeah. And then the movie unfolds. I'm like, oh, okay, and I think that is the best way to watch a movie, quite honestly. Right. So you don't mind spoilers, but in no. an ideal world, you would not even have press coverage. Yes, but I think there's some. I think once I, like the Mandalorian's different, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen trailers for it. I know what it is. I've read the stupid I thought books. I, I thought I knew what it was. I didn't. Okay, maybe I don't. Um, but even still, I don't think it would bother me. I will say I'm this though: I'm someone who watches so many shows after the fact. And like Succession, I didn't start watching until everyone had already watched it all. Yeah. Game of Thrones, I haven't watched. Oh, shit, we're, we're at 144. We're way past... Uh... Where are we supposed to be? We, we're at, at Rock Center. Okay. I'm going to call him. Okay, call him. This is the part of the podcast where Connor makes one phone call. Hello? Hey, Patrick. We thought it was 1.30. It's 1.44. Yeah, no, that's the time it is right now. I know. Uh, okay. We're sorry we're ruining your day. That's okay. Where are you guys? We're heading towards you. We're at Park and We're at Park and 56 walking towards you. Okay, great. Have you eaten? I have not. Okay. Do you have an idea of what you'd like to eat? Uh, I don't really... What do, you, what do you guys... What do you recommend? Where do you go near there? I mean, I go to like a Toasties or a Hale and Hardy or a Chipotle or a Dos Toros or a... How do you find with a Hale and Hardy? It feels like yeah. it's that kind of weather. Yeah, Hale and Hardy is great there for Hale and Hardy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So let me... There's there's one really close to here. So you guys come here and then I'll, I'll meet you guys downstairs. Great. Hey, we're walking past some Christmas trees right now, Patrick. That's great. That's right up your alley. Ah, I love it. There's a car park here. Um, There's a car park near there. It's a Maybach. When we're what? Yeah, listen. It's a good part of town. Okay, when we get there, we'll we'll message you. Tell me when you're a few minutes out, and I'll come meet you guys now. All right, cool. All right, bye, Patrick. where is Park Center? 50th? Yeah. In 5th? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what were we saying before? So aren't we a few minutes out right now? No, we're like 10 minutes away. Okay. Um, oh, like when you see a movie at a film festival, it's kind of disorienting because you realize that most of the time, you know a lot more than you think you do about almost anything you go see. Right. Like you, that's the reason you're going to see it is you heard like, or I heard the, even like something as simple as I heard this was good or even something as simple as like a major studio decided to distribute this in theaters is kind of like it's vouching for uh, at least the quality or the assumed appeal. Should we walk by the evil eye? Yeah, let's do it. By the evil eye, we mean a building that hopefully in our lifetime will be disassembled brick by brick. Yeah. Um, Trump Tower. And that's why I think 
being like a film critic is so interesting because it both takes tremendous trust to make a determination of a film when there's no one else mm-hmm. do it. But it also means that there's a lot of responsibility because whatever you say will start rolling downhill. And I think also there's that thing of like group thing that happens with things where everybody goes to the critic screening and you've got to get a sense of like people are liking, not liking yeah. this, you know? It's always interesting to me how disparate the reviews are of how someone did hosting the Oscars. Right. Because it's one of the few things where it's like, quick, don't get a sense of what everyone else thinks. You tell me what you think right. of how this person hosted the Oscars. And so you'll get reviews that are like, a triumph. Yeah. And like, what a failure. What a snooze fest. And it's partly because you're like, nobody had a sense to sort of like sniff out, are we liking this? Oh, we're all like, yeah, yeah, I'm liking it, you know? Uh, it's also interesting because I think about it and it's like, I'm sure they exist, but it's not as prevalent because it's not as big a part of our culture. <laughs> but there's not like uh, painting critics that are like, ugh. This. Another field with a river in it? Yeah. Another, no thanks. Another river. This sucks. And actually, I'm sure those do exist. They but do. We just aren't aware of them. But I just think it's funny how, like, movies are this one thing where critics really move the industry. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, there are art critics, but it's more of a rarefied world. It's like, uh, I think there's fewer of them. And it's... There are certain art forms where it feels like... Like... Everybody feels kind of qualified to talk about acting. Everyone feels kind of qualified to talk about comedy. I don't feel qualified, even as someone who, like... You know what we should do today? What? We should go into one of these... Pretty women in these places? Super fancy jewelry stores where there's, like, four attendants waiting at the door and, like, a spiral staircase going to be like, yeah, we're looking for a... Uh, do some Fifth Avenue shopping? A necklace. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be against doing some fancy Fifth Avenue shopping. Sure. We have to come up with a fictional person for whom we're buying. Uh, my Uncle Mandy. He likes rings. The fancier, the better. Yeah. Um, and I think... What was, I, what was I saying before? The, the um, like, I, I own, you know, a fair number of, like, jazz records, and I like right. jazz. And I know when I like something, when I don't like something. I would not feel qualified to speak with any authority about what a really good jazz record is. I just don't right. know enough about it. Same with classical. I know what I like, but I'm aware of my own, like... Right. Uh, Primitive this has stupidity. Got to be the store. I'm sorry. The Microsoft store. Yeah. It's cool, like the Apple store, but who give a fuck? It feel. It truly feels like. Uh, in Queens, we have a lot of these, where it's like um, electronic stores right. that try to make themselves look like Apple stores, but it's very clear that it's like independently owned. Right. But that's what the Microsoft store is. Yeah. But anyways, sorry, I I've never you. seen that before, and it looks ridiculous. Yeah. But yes, I agree. There's Microsoft is a major corporation, 
and that makes them look like they're like an off-brand, like, yeah, like it might as well be like an Ample store. It, or, or it looks like, um, or like Apple P-U-L. When like Best Buy or Staples has an electronic section. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many things that I'm like, well, I'm not, there's no way I could even create a judgment of this. I'm currently in the midst of writing my second annual Rolling Stone oh my God. review of every Christmas album that comes out this year. So have you do it again? I also have you do it again. Uh, That's and so funny. The I loved it last year. My parents loved it too. Uh, what's interesting is, like, I have a Spotify playlist that is currently up to 32 hours of music. Uh, that's so that's this year's Christmas album. I have a couple of things. I I'm gonna I gotta reread what I wrote last year to make sure I'm not just repeating myself. It's interesting because how uh, funny would it be? And you sort of are if you become like Rolling Stones Christmas music critic. Yeah, but then also like the Christmas music reporter or like record labels are like, listen. If We've Ratliff it. says it's good, you're in good shape. Well, what's, so we just really got... Well, what's weird... You start getting invited out to fancy dinners by... Uh, what's weird is I find I'm not... I'm not a... I think I'll make the article fun to read. Here we are. But I'm not a great critic in the sense that, like... What, there are... I've been doing them sort of in order of release, more or less. Right. And there were two albums in a row. I'm very upfront about the fact that my thing yeah. is secular Christmas, not religious Christmas. Right. So when I come across... An album that's like, you know, ye light it's shines a, it's, upon me or whatever. Yeah, like a, there's a, like a family. He who walks. Like there's this one that's like the Collingsworth family Christmas, or right. there are albums that are like the true. Here's what Christmas really means, or like yeah. I immediately it's sort of like my my antenna is up a little bit for like this isn't for me. Right. And I don't want to be needlessly cruel about. The Collinsworths. Yeah, that like, I'm not here to shit on their holiday, but it also, I want to be clear that like, this isn't really for me. Right. You might love it. I don't. It's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Santa Frosty Rudolph guy, not a a Jesus, Mary, Joseph, King Herod murdering all the babies guy. That's not the holiday I I dig. (laughs) And the, it's amazing how many people are surprised when you bring up the thing about Herod murdering all the firstborn uh, I mean, kids. You're talking about everything in the Bible. No, but that's a major. Th- that's. But I'm saying there's so many things that you can look at and be like, well, most most people that talk about the Bible don't talk about this. But that's not even an obscure part of the story. Right. That's if Christmas was happening now, that'd be the main news story. It'd be like, in other news, a baby was born in Bethlehem. Meanwhile, King Herod has put the order out to slaughter the sons of Bethlehem. Right. Um. I, oh yeah, I should text him now. Okay. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where Connor sends one text message. Uh, where are we at? We're by Radio C. We are. We're half a block from Roxanne. I'm right, we're half a block from Thirty Rock. Was it Roxanne right there? Oh yeah. I truly said I was going to email him, and that's not what I want. Oh, I'm just calling him. I can't believe this. This is the Hey, of the we're we're, we're near the we're near uh, Radio City. Where should we oh, go to? Great. Um, 
why don't I meet you on the corner of 50th and, what is that, 7th? 50th and 7th? Yeah. Okay. Is that what that, cor- is that, what that corner is? Is that the, the north corner of Radio City? I will meet you on the northwestern corner of 50th and 7th. Okay. So it's across the street. It's across the street from Radio City. Okay. Gotcha. Is that Fox? Is that Fox? What? Is that Fox? Okay. You want to go see Fox? Is that something you want? No. I thought that's where you were directing us. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. So we'll meet. I'll meet. We'll meet you there. Okay. Bye. I think this is where I got my colonoscopy. Oh really? At the Chase Bank? Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, they're they shouldn't like, have done that. They're like, just back up to the to ATM and we'll shoot some 50s up there. Uh, I... So I'm listening to one of these albums. Yeah. And... This is a little preview. Yeah. Well, I had this weird thought process and I may... And this may end up in the article or not, but like... I think it was one of these religious families had a song that was called something like it's the reason why he came or something like that. And they're referring to Jesus. They're referring to... Right. And I'm like, my first reaction was like, this is a holiday about a conception. And... (laughs) You're not going to think about the double entendre here? Yeah. And I'm like, it feels weird. Like, I I wouldn't put out a song called The Reason Why He Came in 2019. Because I'd be like, ah, people are going to think the wrong thing. And then I was like, oh, that's on me, not on them. Right. Because, oh wait, he means 50th and 7th, so that's over one block. Oh, shoot. Right? Yeah. Um, and, but then I started thinking, and I really think, and tell me if you agree or disagree with this, because I'm like, oh, that's on me. That's not on this poor yeah. religious family that put out this Christian album. The Collinsworths. Yeah. Uh, but then I started thinking, what in my lifetime contributed more to the mainstreaming of that kind of humor? What, what act, uh, what major event... And you can put, point the blame wherever in this, but I would point it at the Star Report. Prior, I think you have a world prior to Lewinsky, post Lewinsky, prior to the Star Report. Specifically right. that the Star Report went out of its way to include as much specific detail about what happened sexually. Right. With the president ejaculating on the dress and all this. And it really mainstreamed, I think, cum jokes in a way that they weren't mainstreamed before. Right. And the reason that that information was in the Star Report was because Brett Kavanaugh, who was working for Kenneth Starr, insisted on including as much humiliating sexual detail in that report as possible. He was adamant that the way to punish Bill Clinton for his wrongdoing was to tell everything. Right. So now it's on the news. So now people are like, what do I tell my kids? It becomes like uh, people in school are talking about this. It's the president. It's come on the dress. And there are other things. There's like the hair gel joke and there's something about Mary, but it's definitely of a moment. Right. So now here we are in 2019 and a religious family wants to put out an album with a song about the reason why he came. 
and my mind goes there. But that's not entirely my fault. So you're saying... Brett yeah, Kavanaugh, direct would... line from Brett Kavanaugh to 2019, why that joke uh, is the first thing that pops into my and mind. listen, we don't know the politics of the Collinsworth family. I don't. But we... But there, I know the there, people... I know the politics If we were of throwing a, darts at a board... Yeah. We feel like it'd be likely that they Which be, quadrants? Exactly. Now... They might so be, you're sort of like, well, well, well. Well, they might be, and they might be perfectly lovely. I don't know a lot about them. I just know they made this album. The album is very lovely sounding, but it's not quite for me. And, but I do know I like their building a tree. that a significant part of that quadrant that would be most offended by me making that association also very much likes Brett Kavanaugh. Right. Like the people who'd be angry at me for even bringing this up is that quadrant whether the Collingsworth family is part of it or not and you would say, and, and to them I would say well 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 right uh, if you wonder why we arrived here check your history books right very interesting very interesting wait did he mean the north well he, meant, he said 7th right he said 7th Avenue yeah wait wait what, what just happened what do you mean do we go the wrong way? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey. We walked the wrong way twice. How do you know that? He saw us go the wrong way. Why didn't you stop us? That's, well, how loud did you shout my name? All right. Yeah, we just got confused. We were talking. <laughs> Don't worry about. We were talking about. Hey, what year were you? What what year were you born, Patrick? No, I'll say it. Ninety-two. Okay, you're too young. All right. Uh, do you see us now? Do you see us? If um, we're right by anthropology, should we cross down to where you are? Yeah, but for Hale and Hardy, which way? Okay, we're crossed down. Okay, so we're gonna we're we're heading toward the Rainbow Room overhang. We're gonna cross. Okay, so we're gonna cross after this car, but before this cab. There's a short window. I think we can do it. Even oh, though this car is really botched it for us. Yeah. Steven Botchko. Yeah. All right. See you in a minute. While we're here, we could uh, we could call down the the victim of the Joker himself. Oh, Ben Warhite, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm listening to these albums. It's a little bit crazy making because there's so many of them, and so many of them really are the same. Right. But what's actually made it harder this year is. A lot more of them than I expected did the things that, and I, I didn't cause this, but one of my big things is that if you, you have to have at least one original song right. or do something original with the yeah. things, or else you're just like, it's more like you're doing this for yourself because you right. want to hear yourself do these yeah. classic songs. Yeah. That's uh, and it feels like a lot more people are doing that this year than last year. But there's still a lot of people who I'm amazed that people like name their album Merry Christmas or just 
some two different people call their album Christmas in the City. Two it's, different people call their album Christmas. It's probably just a money grab. Yeah, but you it's like. What's, what's funny though is the more public rules you make about this. Yeah. I really hope that there's a world in which like. Some Someone people, somewhere is having a conversation where they're like. Yeah, but like if you're like if you're like listen, I'm gonna listen to them in the order they're released. So if you release it earlier, I'm gonna listen to yours sooner, and near the oh, end of my reviews, I start. That's my algorithm. That's the yeah. Connor Ratliff Christmas algorithm. Oh, Patrick. Patrick Cotner, first time, oh. first time guest yeah. on Twelve Hour oh, Day. Yeah. Let's go over here so I can. Sorry for all the confusion. It's okay. It's a lot of moving parts today. Oh, I get it. Oh, really? Do you want to recap it, or do people not care? No, no one. Okay. Because anyone who's listening up to this they know point, what happens. yeah, they're the so only they, people who don't they, need to hear. Stop. Take a breath. JD is doing where we pause the recording. Oh. I think JD has Are you a. Telling people that? No, because he's not recording right now. Okay. No, we, it, that was only half a second. Are you still recording? Yeah. JD's been doing it. It's happened. This is the second time it's happened where he'll say, "Take a breath," <laughs> and then he checks the chest. Test, test. Oh, you're going handheld again? I only have. Insane. That's the only option I've never I seen have. This in person? Really? This is crazy. Test, JD, JD, JD. How many episodes have you listened to of this? Episodes. All of them? Yeah. Great. That's so you know the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's give some context for who you are, Patrick. Sure. I know we've mentioned you. We've talked about you in the yeah. podcast before. Yeah. Uh, how would you introduce yourself? We can't yourself? hear Patrick right now, though. Wait, stop. Let me just give him this microphone. Oh, but this is fun. Give him the handheld. <laughs> I can't. It's connected. But if he stays close, you can, right? <laughs> you can't give him the law that's tied to your belt? It's not tied. Why are you obsessed with him having the handheld? Why are you giving him his, your phone? <laughs> you were trying to, you're too busy trying to burn me. Yes, that I didn't notice you, I handed you Patrick. You handed Patrick his cell phone. Missed call from Patrick Cotner. Yep, I think you both got missed calls from me. Yeah. People have said that I say your name incorrectly. How do you say it? Cotner. No, no, that's the right way. He says it wrong. How do I say it? You say my name. Hot Noir. Yeah, that's wrong. Hot Noir. No. Cotner. Cotner? It's like C-O-T-N-E-R. Cotner? Yeah. I either say Cotnar. You say Cotnoir. Cotnoir? Yeah. That's the better way to say it. Sure. I stand no. by this. I stand by... I get it. Sal Gentile instead of Sal Gentile <laughs> and Patrick Cotnoir. It's the laziest way to say it. We have, uh, we have family members who say Cutner. No. And that's very wrong. That's very, very wrong. There's only one worse way to pronounce your name that I can't even think of. No? No. Uh, I don't. Uh, it involves uh, moving a letter around. Say it. No. Kotnar. No, say it. No, he's got a good one. No, say it out loud. Okay. I just said it out loud, but I, I'm doing it by waterfall. Oh, I. Um, you got it. It's not worth it. It's not worth but it. But I just want to say it. it. Connor, that's not worth it. Yeah, I want to be on SNL. Um, You're I, so close. You're <laughs> right now. You are. This is the closest I've ever been. <laughs> To being that's not true that's not true at all no because i was recently i should say i was recently on an nbc owned television Did you just show. say nbc nbc to the tune of the nbc chimes nbc yeah. uh cbs i was on a, a siffy broadcast that hey, was on a BC. saturday night during snl so direct competition so basically i was on like you were on the mad tv of sci-fi or the fridays or whatever yeah yeah um but have you ever done Seth Meyers? Yes. Okay, so uh, Ben, ben Moorheit every now and then uh, writes a bit, and he's asked me to do it twice. I will tell you this: it's not a lot of work, and it's one of those things that I keep getting checks for. Right. I'm always surprised because That's it's great. like I'll get I still get checks for Broad City, and they're always like sixteen cents. The yeah. most will be like thirty dollars or something. Right. I every now and then I'll get a late night with Seth Meyers check. 
that will be like enough to kind of brighten my day right for like a thing that was like a year ago is that a hundred dollars or what is that oh, like, more than that more than that wow. and i'll be like it'll just be like oh i wonder why i don't know uh because it, if, i guarantee you they package it for like international and all these sure. different places it's the same it, that show they and played also, in tabs yeah and this last and week, last week tonight with john oliver the two shows where i'll get an unexpected check where i'll be like oh that's not bad that's great right especially because for those it's usually not much work yeah. Like, literally, it's like a man-on-the-street thing that Ben Warheit writes, and then he asks a handful of people to do it. How long does something like that take you? Less than uh, an hour to shoot? More than an hour, but, yeah. like, less than three from when I show up. You That's know? great. So two. Yeah. Two. Not, not, not necessarily. Could be 90 minutes. I don't call that two hours. Connor, what do you get at a Hale and Hardy? Uh, it depends what they have. Okay. Uh, and it's been a while, but... Uh, do you tend towards Hale or Hardy? I'm not sure I know the difference. I think Hale's soup, right? No, I think soup Hardy's Hardy. soup. Oh, it's Hardy soup? More Hardy then. No, I have no idea. I'm a Hardy I'm boy. Okay. I, uh, I come here almost every day. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's close and it's cheap. What's the... What's the good sandwich? It's like they lowered the music for us. I like it. Uh, hey, I don't normally get a sandwich. I usually get a salad or like a clam chowder. They, they don't have regular chili, and it's really annoying. They like did it in November. This way for soups, also this way for sandwiches. Yeah. It's like a sign says. Okay. We're at Hale and Hardy Soup right now, near Rock Center. What's happening? What did you say? What did you just say to me? I said, what are you going to get? I think we get the uh, chicken and black bean chili. Okay. I found that's good. Are you I wish they is had this a business lunch. <laughs> Did I do a no. They don't have regular chili here, and, and it's really annoying. What's wrong with chicken and black bean? I want beef chili. They had it. Was that your Was that your nickname in beef chili? Yeah, beef chili. Um, I they had it in November every day. It was like chili November or something they called it, and it was great. This is November. Uh, October, whatever month it is. I don't know what month it is. October. What about the three alarm chili? Is that I don't a beef? Want that. That's too spicy. Would you rather have shrimp chili? Or... Hey, how's it going? Can I get the large clam chowder? Hi, how are you? Hello. Hi. Hi. I'd like to. I would Listeners, like a large chili. I usually get the clam chowder. It's really good when they Thank actually you. let the potatoes go in, uh, and it's like a little bit thicker rather than just having the broth. Uh, large is usually pretty good, and my go-to is getting two bags of crackers because um, it helps fill it up a little bit more and it's very hot when you first get it. I just did some private time. You missed it. Thank you. Do you ask for crackers or they, do you buy them or do they yeah, get you ask for them? Right. Back door up here. Up here. Uh, I'm going to get, can I get two things of crackers? Yeah, can I get two bags? Great, thanks. Uh, yeah, I've got this guy. Whoa, the app. I got the app, and you know what? I want you guys to use the app too. Your app? Because it gives me rewards. Okay. Yeah. Great. Hey, Connor. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you Hi so there. much. Uh, some it didn't go through? Have, have crackers, my kid. I'll have this app as well. 
It did not? Oh, okay, let's do it again. The why? This is embarrassing. Okay. Wow, this is really embarrassing. That's okay. We did it. We did it. We did it together. What about back there? Is there seating? No, no. There's no seating. Well, let's go sit outside somewhere. Okay. There's a spot over there. Yeah. There Are people allowed to sit? Patrick, do people ever sit along there? We could sit right there. That's very sad. Is it? Why is that sad? Uh, I don't know. It's just, if you feel like... Where are we going to eat this? Connor wants to eat it outside. I think it's cold. You said there's a spot over there. There are spots. There's All spots right, over well, here. We'll go to the outside spot. Here, we'll go over here. Well, I also offered a place in there. You said Wait, it was sad. Did, did they put a spoon in the bag? Yes. Okay. Oh, That's okay. the angriest I've ever seen JD and Mama. Because <laughs> I just got to go back in there and get a spoon. Get over here. Yeah, over here. This is great. Oh, let's go here. Yeah. These are spots. This is my office right here. Whoa. So Pointing at a trash can. <laughs> You're working a trash can. Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Where you want to go? Where'd oh, it's wet. Oh, it's so wet. It's not wet. It's not what wet. What are you talking about? It's not wet. You're right. It's very wet. <laughs> it's so, so There's stuff underneath the overhang over here. Wow. All right. Connor Patrick just... Patrick is now like... You're like the character in The Walking Dead who knows where to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're like, over yeah, here. What do we do with this bus, Patrick? Yeah, you get on. You give him the car. And then I wish there was a way to walk places. through that bus. Like, here it opens up on one side and you just cut through the street. Have you ever done that on things where you use something for how it's not intended? Yeah. For example, uh, sometimes I will swipe. I have an unlimited, so I'll swipe into the subway just to have a, to get by traffic. Yeah. I go underground. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I've ever done that. These look... What overhang are you talking about? I was about? talking over here. Like this. There's no seats there. But there's no seats there. I thought there were seats. This is less wet. Yeah, it's less wet. There's coffee, there's on, coffee on. Oh my gosh. I think this I think is good. There's two chairs under the overhang, but there's no table. Just let's go right here. So I fun. was going to go on the other table, and you cried because it was a too lot wet. less wet. I cried? Yeah. Your tears coming out of your face. You didn't make a noise, but you didn't weep. All right, so we're getting our food out. Ugh. Patrick, let me ask you this. Yeah. Did you watch the Sesame Street 50th anniversary special? I did. Oh, yeah, this is, is a it? big. Uh, New thing. I think it's good. Have you watched it? I've only watched part of it. Okay. Uh, and we talked at length. We played the Elvis Costello part. Yeah. I... And I agree with Connor what he's about to say. Okay. I love Matt Vogel as Kermit. I, I think he's really come into it. Which oh, did he, have a, did he have a, a learning curve? I think so, but I think everybody does. I don't think you can do but a I, job like that. But you know how I felt for such a long time. Yes, yes. This is the, I direct messaged him because I discovered that he follows me on Twitter. Oh, really? And so I, DM, I DM'd him and was like telling him how moved I was by his performance and yeah. how great I thought he was, and he was very nice about it. Oh, that's great. He's really great. Um, um, I've been trying to get him for Ascot forever, but he's busy being Kermit the Frog. Busy. Well, some of us Kermit are easier in. to get, I guess. Uh-oh. JD just us. did uh, Ascot last night. He took yeah. that as a slight. Thank you. Yeah. JD was so good at ASCAT. You really are. You're really good at it. It's, it. Well, here's the thing. There are people who will do ASCAT. I book ASCAT. Yes, people. Patrick should, yeah. is, oh, the, is the guest booker. Just so people. That's why I made that. Oh, yeah, job. we should introduce you more. We didn't really get around to doing that. Sure. Patrick is the. Uh, 
Can we say where you work or will that get you fired? Oh, you can say it. Patrick works for a little company. For ISIS. You may have called ISIS. Uh, I mean, we make videos and put them out online. And so, people get very upset. Which is, which and, people, that, and people get very upset some of the videos that you post online. And people get and very that angry. Is, that is all that ISIS does. They make videos and people get upset about them. That's um, it. The, no, Patrick uh, works for Marvel. Yeah. Um, and prior to that, he worked on the Chris Gethard Show and the President Show and has worked on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, the producer. As the guest booker. He is the producer. Of, no one knows more celebrity emails than Patrick. Ooh. And half of them were just him guessing. <laughs> That's true. I would say more than half. More than half, yeah. I would say more than half. You are one of the more resourceful. Like, that move that you just did where you were like, even though you were dead wrong about there being an overhang that would shield oh, yeah. the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are one of the mo- Like, honestly, between the two of you, I'm easily the least mm. capable and the least resourceful person at this table. Can I say this? Yeah. I've seen Patrick get very good at his job. Because when you first started... We were all just making it up. No yep. one knew what they were doing. And by the end, you had had enough experience where you... Turn you, you are now an experienced guest booker. Isn't that sort of crazy? Which is crazy. Um, like, you're like, ah, listen, that person's not because of this and this. Yeah. And here's how you get this True. person. Which makes me angry at you, JD. To think about the way... And I don't blame you entirely, but you're certainly part of the problem. Okay. Or, for, for snuffing out, like you're the person who generally helps people and you're good for the entertainment industry. And this is the only example I can think of where you looked at potential and talent and hard work and what? Nothing. Keep going. And you stomped on that. Patrick and I, for the final stretch of the Chris Gethard show on yeah, Eminem. It's not what you Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> We were the camera operators. If you oh, watch, yes. if you watch the final run of episodes on public access, um, yeah. If you watch, we did a lot. Connor and I did a lot. We, yeah. We were the camera operators, and I think I never trained. I did train, but it was the day before Hurricane Sandy, and they crammed all of our stuff into about an hour. Which and I will say, you guys got good. There is a world in which you guys could be professional camera operators, and that world's worse for both of you. Well, maybe you don't know that, and you can't know that. All you know is the camera work got really great towards the end of the M&M yeah. run. And I'll say this. And then we got picked up. Yeah. And so Patrick and I, we sit down for a meeting with JD to ask about, well, what do we do now as far as being the camera operators on now that we're on Fusion? And JD says, "This meeting never happened." JD <laughs> says, "Hunter's fabricating all of this. We're firing you mm. from being the Chris Gather Show camera operators." And that was a bummer because no bits. I think we both would have done it. I you think know? you would have. I think we would have. But instead, without you both, instead, you both get to do other jobs that you continue oh, no. to do. Today. Oh no 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 no! Wait, I think you misunderstand. I think we would have done both. Both. Oh, I see. No. Yeah. No. Yes. There's no actual way. Yes. Think about this. Well, no. If you tell me what the real reasons are, in all seriousness, the real reasons we couldn't continue is because there's like unions and people yeah. who like. Uh, Think about this. What do you do? You're gonna join the union. What? You're gonna join the union. We join the union. Yeah. But then, are we allowed? Like, when sometimes when I would do a guest bit on the Gathered Show, 
I would real quick jump off camera and run on camera and mm -hmm. someone else would take over. Is that possible within the world of a professional TV show that's breaking I all mean, the rules? The amount that I got yelled at by Howard that be for... We always did proper of the ways that things operated. Yeah. I don't think it would have been looked at kindly that there would be op yeah, moments when... We would have ended up getting canceled. But I think Connor's right. The show did pride itself on... <laughs> the show uh, wouldn't still be on the air. The show did pride itself on always trying to break the rules, and I feel like if we had actually done that, it would have... It would have. We could have gotten a few more okay. Business Insider articles uh, okay. or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> okay. like... like uh, okay. American cinematographer might have done a piece on like the one TV show <laughs> that that, does, that does bad at its job. <laughs> that can't actually shoot itself. No, where the camera has to stop and sit on a wide shot. Look at those last round of episodes and tell me. Also, last round of episodes was like eighty episodes. Yeah. It was and, a lot. Anyway, so Patrick and I were both camera people mm -hmm. on the Chris Gather show. You did great. I feel like. I feel like I. Has some really creative approaches to how we shot stuff. Well, and the reason that I started doing it was because I noticed that people were missing things in the musical numbers, and I could see you getting frustrated, and I asked, wouldn't it be like... I don't think I knew this. I think it was because you didn't have... There was one week where there weren't like enough, and you were relying yeah. on the robot camera, yeah. and you're like, can yeah. we cut to this? We don't have it. And I was like, what if I was on a camera? Because I feel like I have a pretty good eye for like what, yeah. and what then, would look fun. Then a thing happened where Connor wanted to come every week but didn't want to do a bit every week mm -hmm. and didn't want to be on the panel and didn't just want to watch. And so mm -hmm. it was a way to actively view. And Connor, I think, took pride in getting good shots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I love filming the musical numbers, especially because I knew that for the nature of the show, what I knew I was good at was not getting perfect shots, but getting shots that were like a little more interesting, a little bit more. And reflect the energy of the moment. Yeah, that it was like, uh, like I'd be really bad at like the shot on SNL where it starts at the clock and then it moves around to the musical and it has to be like smooth as clockwork. But I, I saw it more like, no, we're more like in the jungle during wartime or something and yeah. we're, we're trying to like, do you have anything that you remember as being like, oh, that was cool? Um, I remember every now and then there'd be a thing where I'd hear JD be like, oh, that's good. It was one of those things where we'd hear in the earpiece and be like, hold on that, hold on that or yeah. something. I'd be yeah. like, I don't remember I have one that's my favorite thing What's that, that? shot. Do you, think, what, what, do you have one that you can remember? Um, the Galifianakis holding up the hair was a really good one. Oh, that was a good shot. That's a yeah. good shot. And then all of the Eat More Butts stuff I always thought was really... The what stuff? The Eat More Butts. Oh, yeah. That stuff was cool. Was I filming, or have I falsified this memory, when Will Hines played the French horn? Uh, you probably would have been. I don't even remember that happening on the show. <laughs> it was one of my favorite moments of the whole run. Show? He, brought his, he was learning to play the French horn, and he came on and played a song. And I think if I wasn't filming it, I was really paying attention to whoever was filming it and being like, oh, this is funny. What is your favorite? You said you had one. The Dostnikov Brigade. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, the... Is that 100th oh. episode one? Where it's like close-up on Shlomi's face? Where yeah, it's yeah. like... The close-ups, where it's like you're slowly yeah. zooming in, and then I'm like cutting, and they're like very similar, but slightly off, and so it's just yeah. this like weird dissonant... It's like blinking an eye back yes. and forth. Yeah, yeah. I was... I, I know was you on were, for that one. You were yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And it's funny because... I don't remember. Here's something truly... Okay, this is complicated to say. And this is not... <laughs> we have time. <laughs> this is not a slight of anyone's skill. No, say it. But at a certain point, after the first season on Fusion, I stopped directing the show. I was just showrunning. You've done it. You've done it already. But I was directing and showrunning simultaneously. Right. But I will say, not in any uh, better or worse in terms of skill or ability. In fact, Joe, who ended up directing the show, was far better skill-wise as a camera director than I am. But I do miss that there are certain ways that I would shoot things mm-hmm. or cover things mm-hmm. that I thought that I wish could have continued. Yeah. That I tried to explain... But are just things that they're feeling. They're feeling. They're feeling that are hard to, and like one of the things that I'm like, this is hard to explain because it's not actually a good thing to do, but it works with the Gethard show. Was I did a lot of like, okay, slow move in, mm-hmm. just slow, 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 slow move in. All right, now go find an audience member. Like these yeah. things that are like, but I don't know if that would have worked on cable. I think it would have. Okay, it but, absolutely would have. But it's the kind of thing where. The camera director's job isn't to paint that picture yeah. in that way because there's so much going on. Yeah. And it's it you really have to, you know, it would be making choices to stop covering the action and be covering other things or yeah. anything in a way that it would be problematic if a camera director was making these huge, bold choices mm-hmm. like that. And it's different. I, the, I could always save myself an edit on Fusion when it's live it's live but I think that is one of the things that I miss a little bit um does this start with me saying how resourceful you are yeah you, you said that yeah yeah I, I really like it is fascinating I feel like you're two of the most resourceful people in terms of figuring out like how to make stuff work and knowing, like, having good instincts for why something wouldn't work. Sure. Which is, I think, a hard instinct to have in a strong way. A lot of, there are a lot of people who have that instinct, but it's, it's coupled with a certain kind of being boring. Yeah. Where it's like, let's not do that. And yeah. it's about a, a lack of imagination. I think it's a really great quality to have that coupled with curious imagination, a certain kind of daring. Yeah, and a trusting thing. Yeah. Because, like, at this point, uh, we work on George Lucas' talk show together, too. Mm-hmm. And how many of those? There have been 100? 72. 72? Close. Uh, that's a long time. Move it closer on here. Yeah, sure. That's a long time, and I feel like... I and you and Griffin and et cetera know what works on that show and what might not work as well. Right. So I think it's just like trial and error and you just figure it out and then, yeah. Um, I don't know. But it makes me feel very sloppy sometimes about the way that I'll... But I think you're sloppy in a good way. But that's why yeah. I like working with both of you is because I feel like there's so many areas that we complement each other, but yeah. I also feel like I'm aware of what my weaknesses are. Yeah. And uh, 
and you both have these certain skill sets that I think, oh, I don't have that as as strongly, you know. But I feel like I've I've seen Patrick grow that ability in ways where, like, because I think the Gethard show when we first worked together, mm-hmm. I was a child. Yeah, and there was so many in situations when you first had the job of guest booker. Yeah, where, and we were all like this. I was yeah. like, this is my job. But we were like, what's the is there like an official process for getting this done? And yeah. then we'd have to go, no, it's just make whatever it. you can make up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be like, hey, get this celebrity. You'd be like, does someone know them? Or how to be like, yeah. no. And then it'd be like, yeah. well, how do I? And you'd go, we'd be like, I don't know. And you'd go, okay. And then yeah. you'd go to your office and come back and be like, okay, so I found the person who has yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah, da, da, yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. And then over time you learn that's what your job is. And that's what the experience is. Yeah. Is that over years you're like, Oh, I've tried all these things, and I've learned these are the ones that work and don't work. Yeah, you I mean, can only do it by diving in. That was the first paid booking thing that I had. Right. Uh, and I feel like over the years, especially even since that show has ended, I've gotten a lot better at not asking every question. Where it's like, for a while, it was like, well, I just need to know every detail of this, and then uh, now I'm more like, I, I don't know, I'll figure it out, and I'll just do it. Who was the I first, who was the first, like, do you have a memory of the first guest that you booked for a thing? Uh, it was like it would have been ass. Yeah, or the first time that you were like, "Ooh, oh yeah, I booked this." Uh, Jason Reitman was a big one. Yeah, uh, that was big for me just because I like his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like Paul Schaefer was early, and like Kevin Bacon was kind of early. Both both weeks I didn't get asked. Yeah, yeah, asked yeah, that. yeah. Those were both weeks where they were like the only weird week in a year where I wasn't asked to do ask out. Yeah, and they were also not. It wasn't because there were so many celebrities in town. It was just like a weird anomaly where like, yeah. I think one of the weeks were like seven people or something. I was like, why wasn't I asked? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it was, uh, Sarah Koenig was probably the first. I was also like, not there for that. Really? It was the week that serial ended and she did it. Oh. Uh, and that was like a, it was a huge, when she walked out, it was like insane right. uh, loud cheers and stuff, which was cool. Was there anyone that you ever booked that you were like, couldn't believe that you pulled it off? Uh, Hamill for Ask How was big where I truly they had like emailed me that week because he was doing Comic Con and uh, they're like well he lost his voice at Celebration when he did it a few months ago started Celebration so like we'll just have to play it by ear and I'm like oh boy if he Please. drops out day of like I'm gonna be furious I'm you gonna be so sad JD Amato on yeah that. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a crazy one I mean but also like the Giamatti thing which wasn't totally me but just like Pulling that all off, right. it's uh, still crazy that that. What's happened. nice about that is that so many of the things are fleeting. Like the ASCAP, yeah. like yeah. Hamill was a great night at ASCAP, yes. but it's a memory and a few photographs. Yeah. Whereas the Giamatti actually was I part of a, is the video. I have the video. My. <laughs> here's one. What time is it on a thing? Because you have to bleep that. No, no, you don't. I don't right. have the video of the whole show. I just have the video right. of his monologues. Um, you don't have the scenes. No. I have the audio of the scenes. And right. you're not sharing it publicly. No, I'm not sharing it publicly, and I'm not sharing it with Connor. How often do you listen to it? Never. I've never listened to it. I, I just know I have scene where I was... Wait, uh... did you hear that? Oh, he's playing it now. And it's <laughs> <laughs> My ringtone is the full yeah. audio. The full so audio the of the Mark October. Um, I remember the um, the one that... I don't I don't think people realized how close it was to being not happening. Yeah. Was Diddy. Oh, yeah. When he did the... Um, I was also not there for that. Fusion show. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Why were you not there? I was filming Orange is the New Black. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh, wow. I missed, he, 
That's he showed up. He showed up like two minutes before yes. air, and almost didn't. He showed up two minutes before air, and then was like, "I can't stay the whole hour." Yeah, and was like, yeah. "I have to leave in twenty minutes." And yeah. we're all like, "Okay." Yeah. And his assistants were literally like almost in the fetal position. Yeah. Because the, they thought he wasn't going to show up. It was wild. It was. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but it was just. It was a wild process to make that happen in general. Just trying yeah. to get anything from them to like help I, lock it in and confirm it was tough. I booked one of the first celebrity guests on the other show. Uh, coach? No, Jimmy McMillan. That's true. Did you do that? I didn't know you actually booked that. Yeah. I literally, well, because I emailed every presidential yeah. campaign. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then somebody said to me, I want to credit that it was Noah. Yeah. Probably was Noah Foreman. Noah, like, said, what about Jimmy McMillan? And I said, I only want people who are actually running for president. Yeah. And, that he, and he was like, oh, never mind. And neither of us realized that he actually was running for president. Sure. He was just saying that would be funny. Yeah. And then I realized he was. So I emailed his uh, campaign. Yeah. And I heard back from them at, like, 6. I emailed them at, like, 11 at night. Yeah. And I had an email at, like, 6 a.m. <laughs> from his assistant, Bridget. <laughs> and... Uh, and it was really a thing where it was like... Uh, Wait, his assistant's name was Bridget? Yeah. That's so funny. On, on, uh, president on President's Show, show yeah. we made yeah. Jess Vitkiss into Bridget. It's so funny. Um, um, and that was one where notoriously... Well, I remember telling Gether about him, like... I have Jimmy McMillan, who's willing to debate me for the run of next week's episode. And he was like, I guess that's the show next week. <laughs> and... It's just so funny to think back of that early in the process where, like, that... It feels like even a little bit later, that would have yeah. been a harder thing to make happen. Yeah. But that it was changed so the early. whole thing. Yeah. Well, because we had nothing going on, and so anything that was like, sure. Yeah. And then and then that was also the one where... We were so proud of our stupid little <laughs> things, too. Like, it's, but yeah. it's still a fun it's still a great Projecting episode. the rat lip onto the yeah. banner or whatever. Um, but then I love the fact that you scammed Gethard out of hundreds of dollars. Oh, in, my God. Um, yeah. Such a funny detail. In the Because the, his, his rider was, you have to pay for my ride back and forth. And the ride was like $1,000. It's insane. Car service is crazy. Yes. That's, it's really, uh, there were a few people on Gethard Show whose cars were very, very expensive. Well, because those car services. They wait around for hours and they. But also, if you're a uh, rapper. Yeah. Not Diddy. Uh, you got your guy. You're right. And you use your guy. And that's what I'm saying. Is that like they can make their price whatever they want yeah. because literally they, that person only wants to work with that person. Yeah. And I've worked with their... that person again and they've got their guy and yeah. it's the same thing and right. it's crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's your dream guest on anything? Uh, you have a guest that you really think you'll never get but you would, it would I mean, be the one Oz. Who... It's Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. I, and I've been trying... Yeah. And he said yes, and then, like, uh, had too much press going on for that doc, so they, like, took it off his list. And it's just one of those things where I just can't connect. Like, I haven't been able to connect with his people. You've been ready for the Lucas show. That's not ungettable, though. I know, but it's just a matter of... Who's someone you think you can't get? The problem was... That you would love to get. Who's someone I... uh, Who's an ungettable get? That you really think there's no way. Like, if I said Obama... There we is a world. There out. is a yeah. world in which you could be working on something where you could get him. Yeah, yeah. He's not like closed off to the world. Uh, Heath Ledger. Within the world of, of the living, the living. It has to be technically possible, 
but but, 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 you, but you truly believe that you would bet anything that you could never get them. Uh, like Joe Pesci? That's not even like someone that I really want, but like I'm just trying to think of someone who would in no world because ever do that. Because the thing is, because like even Letterman someone, is technically possible. Someone being big isn't the problem. It's yeah. someone not wanting to do things. Yeah. You know who? Moranis would be hard. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I was about to say Rick. Moranis. I'll say this though. I've talked to his guy before, and he's like, uh, if he ever decides to come back and do stuff, we'll be in touch. It was like not a total shut the door. Right. Wow. And he feels recently like he's like starting to get back. Like he's doing like conventions let it be known, and he's doing. Let it be known that I don't have to talk. He could come on George Lucas talk show. And you would just talk about my brother's just, brisket or whatever? You would just talk about his music. Yeah. Yeah. I won't even mention Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> He's there's my number no one way. <laughs> there's no way. Connor. I would do it because especially Connor. There's no, no way. If you if you if you tell me <laughs> there's no way. No, because he, there is a way, I, and it's, I, I, it's yes. me finding it funny enough to never mention it. Yeah. Well, also in the George Lucas character of him being like insulted by like <laughs> him not him not him not like. Like, your George Lucas could really not like Spaceballs mm-hmm. and be insulted by it and yeah. not want to bring it out out of, like, it being this, like, Or it would be funny if you had just never seen it. Like, if it just didn't cross aware, your plate. Just ne- yeah, yeah, yeah. never aware. <laughs> and then he brings it up at some point, and you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's uh, a, he was Star Wars. Wait. <laughs> Star Wars. Spaceballs. Is that one of your country songs? <laughs> Is that a bonus track? Because I generally, I listen to both albums. <laughs> I listen to the country album and I listen to the album of uh, Nemoidian folk songs. Ah, uh, you gotta make it happen. Not Nemoidian, Targaryen. Yeah, uh, Targaryen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who else is there? The one for me that now is not possible, but was Bowie. Bowie, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Seeing him in the Gather Chain universe would have been my favorite. Yeah. Slight transition, a little preview of what we're gonna talk about a little bit later. Okay. Oh, we also didn't finish talking about Sesame. Oh yeah, we'll talk. You talk about what you're. This is a podcast about. where we never finish. No, I know, I know. Norman Rockwell. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot more Norman Rockwell stuff on the George Lucas talk show. Okay. I sent a text to him a few months ago that said that sentence, and he was like, "What?" Um, because the Lucas Museum, one of their points of pride yeah. is that Lucas has like the largest collection of Norman Rockwell art in the world, and a big part of the museum is going to be. Showing uh Rockwell long since dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, not that long though. I think it was like, like twenty th- years? More than that. I bet eighties. I think he died in the nineties. I thought it was but the he 90s. was in his eighties. Let's find out. Yeah, I think you're confusing the nineteen eighties with him oh, being in his Sorry, 80s. I'm an idiot. Um David Bowie. Nineteen seventy eight. Okay. Yeah. So I was off. And he was in his eighties. Okay, so we're so all we're right. All right. We're all right, we're all wrong. Yeah. Uh, David Bowie asked Norman Rockwell to paint an album cover uh, in the 70s and it was going to happen but then David Bowie changed his mind when Norman Rockwell gave him an estimate on how long it would take and it was going to take a year and a half oh my god so I don't know if that was a Rockwell no like I don't know if that was like a way that you, like, you give somebody a song and like I'll do it but it's going to take me a long time because he's also a guy who painted for magazine covers, yeah. so it's like... Right, he painted constantly. But that yeah. would have been towards the end of his life. Mm-hmm. So do you think he was just like, I'm 80, it takes me a long time to paint now? Could have been that, or it could have been it was like a hard idea, or yeah. like... But... I, I, wonder if there, I wonder if it was like a year before he died, <laughs> and he was just like, 
He was like, he's like, I'm not going to say no, but I'll do it in a. What do I have left? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it in a year and a <laughs> half. Have, yeah, you have uh, 15 months left. I'll do it in 16. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, do you know who's doing Lucas next month? No. Raleigh, Cruson. Oh, really? Yeah. That's who gave me the labyrinth. Stuff oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Via Jersey Dave. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. We're not Ooh. yet. We're not yet fully booked. Who do we have? No, we're booked. Wait, we're, can I? We're booked. Are we? We have Brian Stack, Isaac Mizrahi, and Raleigh Cruson. The murderers row of talk show lineups. Well, listen, if someone drops out, yeah. Or if you need someone to do a walk on twenty minutes of labyrinth. <laughs> well, it's life day. We got a lot to get through. What's that? It's life. It's day. Life day. We have a lot to get through. Oh, do you know what I? Uh, life day aired closer, or holiday special aired closer to Thanksgiving. You know that, a right? A lot of Christmas specials do. Sure. But it aired before Thanksgiving. A lot of Christmas specials do. Okay. So how, why wouldn't you consider Life Day a Thanksgiving special? I do. I consider it Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, okay. and Christmas. Okay. You know about Rye from yeah. Hanson? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Who created Fizzgig. Yes. Among many others. Yeah. And puppeteered multiple things in Labyrinth. And was like one of the first ever interns at Henson? Yeah. Yeah. She started in like 70 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that should be like the whole, just only talk to Raleigh. I know. I know. You know why he's a good producer? Tell him who I was going to have on the show. What, a musician? No. When it was just Raleigh, I was like, who else can we get? I don't, oh, oh. <laughs> Connor and I for months have been trying to figure out who the best pairing for Gilbert Godfrey is. Connor. And we're like, we need someone who can hold their own and not get steamrolled by Gilbert. Right. And I also, like... But yeah. it's interesting because... And Raleigh's not that person. No, no. 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 And it's interesting because you usually have, like, someone connected to Lucas, yeah. a comedy person, and then, like, a wild card. Yeah. And so the only type of person that... The easiest person to balance Godfrey is another comedy person. Yeah. Right. But that's sort of, that's not It's the, too much, yeah. It's too much comedy. Well, it would probably be Gilbert and Frank, his co-host on his podcast, but then we need, like... Yeah. But Gilbert would be, like, having an actual fizz gig on yeah. the show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. I almost feel like that would be, is you have to get, like, a puppeteer. Oh, that's fun. To, like, be doing something where just the show is a bonkers episode. Yeah. That would be fun. Wait, I, I think, think I have yeah. an idea. All right, we'll talk about this later. Right. I, think I, think I, actually... I think I know what you're thinking. Okay, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But it also feels like having you back to do Labyrinth and Hell's Kitchen doesn't feel like the wrong episode to have Gilbert on. <laughs> yeah, Hell's Kitchen, too. I don't know how that'll, that would play. You just got to make it bigger. That's all. You got to run, run up the aisles. I can, and... Ooh, and I can use, I'll act it all out. That's the thing. This is the thing that people, I think, sometimes misunderstand about the, the Hell's Kitchen yeah. Chelsea transition is that it really is like it's 70 millimeter it's IMAX you yeah. know like you've got to think of the scenes in terms of like because I want to know swing at that I think I can improve the labyrinth yeah the thing is the labyrinth you did was perfect for East Village but if you think about what else Kitchen would take it, yeah. it's just like that's what I'm saying I think I could really I could really do the you have a big, you have a bigger screen but also the screen is separate from you right so you can create a thing that goes with it that is like right. complementary instead of competing I didn't have any screen last time you were being projected onto. Oh, yeah. I just had a... Uh, there was just all the different titles, yeah. the cover art for Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, let's have you back in the uh, 2020, early 2020. Yeah. Great. Or I'll do uh, Caravan of Courage, either one. I really... Caravan of Courage, I, I would actually, I, I'd have to learn it. Labyrinth, I just know in yeah. my bones. I yeah. actually, I've been thinking lately, especially since they haven't put those in Disney+, Plus. I've been thinking about how... They didn't? No. no. Now, yeah. I think... Then what's the point? <laughs> well, I think they might. I, I, the thing have you with, watched Mandalorian? No. There are characters. There are characters. What? Okay, no spoilers. Sorry. Um, Wait, really? I guess, okay. I guess no spoilers. I what am... are you gonna say? Okay. La 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 la. No, I can say it in here. They've all seen it. He's gonna edit this. Oh. As I said before. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are creatures from Caravan of Courage in the Mandalorian. No way. Yes. Wait. not <laughs> okay it's probably not what you're thinking it's definitely not what you're thinking oh is it it's okay because it could be really wild it's not that wild I don't think it's that wild okay um, they're pretty wild sure um, in that they live in the wild yeah yeah okay right that's what I assume yeah um, I was hoping that it was like it's not the Gorax or whatever that thing <laughs> yeah. was yeah uh, or, that, that um, big spider. Yeah. Or what's her name? Uh, Sindel? It's not Sindel. No, not Well, there was the theory rumors, that, the rumors, rumors yeah. that I really wanted to be true that Sindel was... Captain Phasma. Captain Phasma. Yeah. Um, Which that would have been so good. I know. And it would have saved that character. Yeah. I... Or I thought it was going to be like the... the oh, what's her name? The witch. Uh, I haven't seen those movies in so long. She's like an evil... Because basically... Why don't they bring back Wilford Brimley's character in a Star Wars movie now? Do you follow him on Twitter? No. It's <laughs> an insane Patrick. question to ask. Patrick. I, but if anyone's gonna. Yes. It's Connor. He tweeted a few days ago. He's like, oh, I thought been, you were going to say you. No, no, no. He, uh, he's been, he tweeted a few days ago. He's like, I've been hearing a lot about this Disney Plus thing. Does anybody know what's good on there? It's just Funny. like a, such a weird. Uh, Connor's looking at his Twitter, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to look up. Okay. Um. Now I'm not I'm not inclined to be too like um, uh, too critical of what's not on Disney Plus a week in because it's it's yeah. they just for one thing they just dumped a century's worth of movies that for most of our life has been like we're putting we're keeping them in the vault and now like almost every single animated movie is on there yeah most of their live action movies are on there. So, like, I feel like the Ewok movies are a thing that they could quietly... They could put on in February and be like, hey... Quietly, Connor? Quietly. You want to know what I think? I think Loud not proud. having Caravan of Courage is cowardly. I Truly, think... the whole point of Disney Plus is to have Caravan right. of Courage. Yeah. I don't think they will, though. I think but they then will. at that point, well, do, you because... think they'll put, do you think they'll put droids and Ewoks on there? Like, the animated stuff? Is it that? Uh, yeah. That's him? Yeah. For real? Yeah. He has a jazz album? I guess. You should have him on George Lucas. He lives in Utah. Fly. He's also Fly him. 90. Fly him in. Can we have Gene Hackman on the show? <laughs> that's, I think there's the one. I think that's the one that it will never happen. I think Gene Hackman, have you seen I think Gene Hackman doing monologues for ASCAT would be terrible. Have you seen the footage? I, I can't imagine. I know, I know that his attitude, like, if he was grumpy making Royal Tenenbaums, there's yeah. simply no way that you could shout pizza to Gene Hackman and he'd be like, 
Uh, pizza. Okay. Uh, I always liked uh, frozen pizzas when I was uh, working <laughs> on a movie. <laughs> like, there's just, he'd be like, pizza? I don't no know. No one told me anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's Connor's Wait, favorite thing. That's my favorite thing how, about ASCAT. How, I was going to say. Yeah. Because I don't know how ASCAT monologues go. Yeah. Because the last time I saw it was yeah, seven a while. years ago. Yeah. That I wasn't in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're your main experience in ASCAT yes. monologues now. Right. Are there ones where it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's rare. There are a few that have gone very badly. But, um, but I think under one hand. Since I've started, I think yeah. there's, there have been maybe four. One of the worst have... ones was prior to Cotner booking it. Did I say it wrong there, Cotner? I mean, it's closer. That's how I usually say it. Yeah. But I do like saying Cotton Noir because I, know, I, yeah. I think that's... If you have the word Noir in your name and you're not saying it, what's the point of even being alive? There's Noir, there's Near Noir, there's yeah. Cotton Noir. Patrick, oh. Patrick Cotneo Noir. I don't like Neo in my name <laughs> at all. Oh, you're not a big <laughs> yeah. Nate Matrix fan? Yeah, no. Not a big Neo-Nazi oh, fan? That's what I was going for, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Wait, oh. I never realized. The one? Um, Red pill. Oh, no. Oh, no. One of my favorite things that happens in ASCAT, and it it does happen surprisingly yeah. often. ASCAT is the improv show. That is the... If you're on episode, <laughs> if you're on episode 17 of this podcast, and you're X hours into this episode, you know. and you... And you don't know what ASCAT is, and you haven't Googled it. Yeah. What are you doing? Improv show, Sunday nights, monologue, UCB yeah. monologues, we do scenes. Uh, the structure of the show. Uh, the person is told this every week by yeah. by Patrick. Yeah. Uh, you'll come out. You'll get a word from the audience. You'll tell stories off of that word. Do some scenes, and at some point, they'll point to you sitting at the side of a chair, and you'll come out, and then you do another story, another monologue inspired by anything that you just saw in 15, 20 minutes of scenes. Anything. Could be one could word. Be a, it could be the last word someone said in it a scene. It could be, he was mean to her, and that made me think of the time someone was mean to me. Like, it could be anything. Yeah. If someone, if someone said the word tree in a yeah. scene, you could be like, someone it's said tree. It's time to be like, here's a story I want to tell. Yeah. 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 It, 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 you should be able to fold in anything. Yeah. The number of times that we point to the person and they go, what? Who, me? And then they kind of get up, like, like oh, what am no. I supposed to do? And then they go, they look around, they're like, nobody told me, uh, so what do I just do? Do I get a word? What do I, oh, nobody told me. I was, nobody, and I love it because I know Patrick is watching the audience having just told in front of all of us backstage at least three times yeah. how the show works and that we're going to point to you and do this thing. Right. The number of people who sell Patrick out on stage yeah. and it is delicious. Yeah. I've come around to loving it. It's so funny because you're just watching a piece of human behavior that it's present in very young children. It's already there, which yeah. is like uh, when a child lies because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. So you'd be yeah. like, uh, what were you doing? Nothing. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. what do you have behind your back? Yeah. Did you take candy? No. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't. It's like they didn't do the homework. They're right. caught. And most of the time you're watching like, sometimes it's like a celebrity or a semi-celebrity. Right. And you're yeah. seeing them blame Flailing, someone blame. else. Yeah. On stage for like, Especially oh. like they're an actor and their whole job is taking direction. Yeah. Where it's like, you heard this. Yeah. It's great. Um, how do we get to that, though? We were saying... I um, was saying... Uh, oh, uh, cowardly. Good or bad. Ask Cat. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how we get to this, but I want to screen the Ewok movies for a crowd. Yeah, can I? I yes, that's what I'm saying. We should. I think we you, should, could, you could do it at Hell's Kitchen. 
Or we could just do some secret private screening about where we get yeah. like like we used to do with secret movie show. I miss those. Because I wish I've never had the experience of watching those movies I bet if we with did a group. I'll just say this idea on Mike. Yeah. Between us and Griffin and David. Yeah. I bet we could do like a secret movie show type thing. Because now, listen, we're not a big deal, but I think people would at least come out yeah. out of curiosity. And I, that that wouldn't be so much work that, you know, we could take like every other month or whatever, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like every two months. Yeah. Uh, Griffin just gave me a thing. <laughs> oh uh, no! We can go back to my apartment later. I, we, you gotta go home eventually. Yeah. Um, but I have something. I have a Christmas present. For me? Yeah. I don't have anything for you. That's fine. <laughs> I bought this a year ago. All right. So it's no, late. I bought this like two years ago. I all think. right. Is it heavy? No. All right. Great. Would it have been weird for me to carry it around all day today? No. Okay. Um, I mean, yes. I know what it's not. What? Uh, a life-size character from any movie. Oh, okay. Um. Wouldn't have been surprising, though. <laughs> I... Katie, how would you feel? I'm not going to give you this, but okay. how would you feel, just emotionally, either, this is a question for either of you, how would you feel if I got you the alien from the sharper <laughs> image stores? The, it, like, the xenomorph? Yeah. I'd be mad. I would You'd not be mad? be mad. You'd not be mad. No. You know that, That though. checks out almost yeah. exactly what I thought. Yeah. I would be... You'd be mad? So you I would laugh, like, but then I would... Wait, how big is it? Like, is the tail unfurled? Like, how no, big is this No, it's not thing? that big. It's like that tree, but shorter. <laughs> it's big. Uh, uh, listener's note, the tree is at well, least here's... 12 feet tall. <laughs> Way bigger than I intended when I gestured. Yeah, that tree's 30 feet tall. <laughs> I did that so casually and so confidently. I was just like, it's no bigger than that tree. Well, here's, here's why I'd be it's, upset. It's like a person in your apartment. It's like having a person in your love apartment. It. Here's why I'd be upset. Number wow. one. Spaces at a premium in New York apartment. You have room in your apartment, Connor. You could make it work. Connor, your apartment looks like the back room at a, a fucking comic book store, <laughs> where they like store all the stuff that they <laughs> can't put out on display. We live different lives like that. That's not a bad thing. I think I'm closer to him than I am to yes. you. Yeah, I, I cherish my space. Here's the other thing, though, and there's probably more to the fact. If I have like five minutes. I gotta go back. I like all how right. you're trying to be quiet about that. Like, I don't know. Like I just, you can just say I'm that. letting you talk. They're going to hear you leave. No, that's fair. <laughs> We're going to go with you. But yeah, I'm just giving you a heads up. Can okay, we, we can start walking. walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You no, you can't get a... <laughs> no, Connor. No, Connor. Yeah, we'll come with you. <laughs> can we make an appointment? What if we have a meeting? Is there anyone we can we talk can... about this off mic. What if we're pitching Is there something? anyone we can make an appointment with? I mean, yeah, it's me. No, someone no. else. I, I don't want to talk to you. We're friends. Oh, is there someone anyone we can make chain. an appointment? No, lower even. I just want to get in the building. My Wait, boss. I'm gonna call my manager. <laughs> yeah, Mar- yeah. We call, yeah. If we call our managers. If we call our managers, if you do, do that, you can get in the yes. meeting. Yes. But I'll say <laughs> this. We can get in the meeting. Yeah. You can get in the, I don't know how the meeting's gonna go, but you can get in. You also don't want to come right now because we're moving in a few weeks. That's so, why like, we want to come. No, but everything's gone. I, it's like our farewell to UCB Chelsea episode. You know, I know a song about that. What's that? Why he came. That's I, why he came. Yeah. Uh, what were you guys saying? Someone was. No, 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 no. I can't oh, do it. No. I can't do it. Connor, I stayed with Connor on one side of the street. We're now on different sides of the street. JD's this on one side of the street. This is the street podcast. If they split up, am I in one ear and you're in the other? He can mix no. it that way. Oh, I want you to mix it like that. Can you mix Why this part that way? Please mix it like that. 
just no, listen. Hard if panic. Connor's on one side and I'm, I'm on the, in the other middle side, of the street, you have to only listen I'm in the middle to one of the street. ear. I'm far Patrick's away from Connor right now. Street. I can't hear what he's saying. Jay's on the other side, so you're listening to the streets podcast. I don't know how you're hearing this. This is the north side of the street. I'm in the middle of the road. We don't really want to switch because we like standing away from each other and all talking. Now we move together. Now we move together. Now we, we move, move together. together. And for that part, yes. blend them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the one piece of editing you have to do in the episode. Which is a lot. Also, I released this in mono. You don't release it in mono, do you? Yeah, I do. Not this part, though, You've please. You've done it different, no, though. You've done it different before. No. You haven't done stereo? There have been, for sure, points where I've listened to one ear and I've only heard Connor. That's not true. Oh, you know what I'd love to hear? Giles Martin. It's not true. Re- because I can, remix I, every episode of 12 Hour a Day. <laughs> The way it should really? sound. Am I? You're crazy. Okay. Because the compression I do puts it all into... So you can't do the effect we just tried to do? I could, but the file size would be so much larger. Just for 30 seconds? Yeah, I think there's a first yes, time for everything, no, and we should try it. Can't you just... can't you file it in the middle. No, but can't you just... This is, like, one of the few times I've heard JD flat out say, no, I'm not doing something cool. No, not that. But he can't do it. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. You mix it it's down... Not, to, here's the thing. You mix it Maybe down. Maybe it's possible. Maybe I just don't know. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm not interested in it. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> listen to this though. We mix this it. This is your office. This is my office. It's yeah, under it's something. under construction right now. This looks pathetic. This I, looks we're like a, we're moving into a space that you and I have been before though. Fao? No. Oh. Hanley Hardy? No. Uh, five Guys? Yeah, it's the old Five Guys building. Um, you can't mix. Here's what I'm saying. Mix it all down to mono. Then output that mono as stereo, but it'll be stereo, but because it's already mono, it won't really be stereo. Clip out that section, add it in. It's not a bad idea. Does that make sense? You should do that. Like if you if you output I mono. I don't think that's how it works. But if you output mono. Either the whole file is stereo or the whole file is mono. I can have it so that the parts that are not that part are in both ears, but you're still sending the information saying what goes into what ear. How about this? Compromise. We well, re, we re, how is it not listening to me, JD? <laughs> we re, we we do this whole section of mono for the people who want the full episode. Can we release just this section of the podcast <laughs> yes. as a bonus episode yeah. in stereo with the effect? Yes, we can. Great. Where do people go to hear it? SoundCloud? Uh, it'll, no, it'll be on the feed. Okay, it'll be on the feed. It'll be on the feed. It'll be a bonus episode with a little bit of a. Uh, uh, it'll be a fifteen-second bonus episode. It won't be because it'll include this argument. No, it won't. Yes, it has to. It now. could. No, this it is doesn't. part of it. Please, please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Please start from where we're doing street talk, and then lead to the part where you refuse, and then come around. Guys, I have to go upstairs. All right, bye, this Patrick. It's been fun. Thank Thanks you. for being on the podcast, bye, Patrick. Deval, Patrick. Pat Noor. That was political. I want to go inside somewhere. Let's go now, Fair Schwartz. Uh, hold on to this. I don't even know where we are right now. New York. No, but, like, doesn't it feel... Wait, take a deep breath. <gasps> and we're back. And we're back. Oh, Zach Jay called. Hold on, let me see. Oh, yeah, let's meet up with Zach. Have him meet us at FAO. I'm going to call him. Hold on. Yeah. I like Zach. I like Zach, too.
this is the silent part of the podcast. Yeah, just me. He says, uh, just finished lunch. JD. Where are y'all at? LOL. Also, I am next to a Popeye's chicken. Do you want me to bring you the chicken sandwich for the podcast? Do you want to try it? You can bring the chicken if you want. We've both eaten, though. All right, where's FAO? Um, <laughs> we just go off to Patrick. <laughs> we just go off to Patrick's office. <laughs> um, uh, let me, can you talk and I'll handle a scheduling thing that I gotta handle real quick? Yes, can you uh, point me towards FAO Shorts? Can we walk? Or do you need to stand still? Um, you know what? We're gonna do this. Yeah. Step inside here. Connor. Oh, uh, Patrick. Patrick says, uh, tell people to follow him on Twitter. He didn't get his plugs in. So can you promote him on Twitter? Um, you can follow Patrick on Twitter at... Uh, I'll have to look up what Patrick's Twitter is here. Let's see. Patrick. Cotton. Why does he want people to follow his Twitter? Okay. His is, oh, at Patrick Cotnor. P-A-T-R-I-C-K-C-O-T-N-O-I-R. Um, hmm. I love it. What else? What else? What else? It's funny because we've stepped into Patrick's office. He'd be mortified at it. Um, um, we're looking at 3D renderings of what this building will eventually be. Huh. This person looks like Travis McElroy from the back. Interesting. Um, what else? Oh, here's a fun thing. If you're looking for people to follow on things, uh-huh. the only social media that I have is I've started posting my artwork on an mm-hmm. Instagram called Complimentary Color, but compliments spelled like, nice to meet you, mm-hmm. you look nice today, with an I, not an E. So if you want to f- see some of the dumb artwork that I'm making, it's not dumb, I like it, mm-hmm. go there. <laughs> I'm looking at this artist running in this building, and it sort of looks like a Richard Scarry book because all the little windows have little scenes inside them. Ooh, that's nice. Um, <clears throat> Some are very different resolutions than the others, though. Yeah. All right, let's go to FAO. Connor's uh, done his scheduling. Was it well, for this podcast? No, it's for uh, my other podcast, Dead Eyes. Ah. Um, oh, this is the plug you, section. You plug Patrick's Twitter? Yeah. Um, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-C-N-O-I-R. Yeah. So, um, some of you may already be familiar. I assume anyone who listens to this podcast most likely already listened to Dead Eyes, maybe, because that's such a yes. short thing to listen to that if you're, if you're invested in this, I feel like... You're already aware. Yeah, yeah it's such an easy thing to listen to. Sort of and yet, it takes so much more work 
Right. For me, anyway. Uh, this I know this podcast has worked for you because not you're the one who has that But it much. takes a while, takes and you've got to do like yes. the, you know. But is so Zach then, meeting us at FAO? I don't know, but we're okay, going to go yeah. there regardless. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear back from him yet. But I, so everybody who listens to this knows my Tom Hanks band of brothers story where yes. I got fired. And for a while now, I've wanted to do... He snatched your band away. He was, he's a bander snatcher. Bander snatch. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And you saw they're doing a follow-up to Band of Brothers, right? Yes. Which is either great timing or terrible timing for this podcast. Right. Um, I think but, great. That'd be such a fun finale. Yeah. Although, <laughs> it's weird because there's a part of me that feels like, depending on how this podcast goes, I don't... I don't have an ending that has to happen, including yes. meeting with Tom Hanks. That doesn't necessarily have to be the end right. of this story. Because I'm, one thing I'm very, very, very excited about, I'm not going to spoil it. So the, the podcast is called Dead Eyes. It's about how I was fired because Tom Hanks saw my audition tape and he thought I had dead eyes. Met with you. Uh, and I, I re-auditioned for him. He didn't tell me personally I had dead eyes, right. but the person in my agent's office who shouldn't have told me that, told me that and said, you have to go re-audition. He thinks you have dead eyes. And so I did this podcast and it was a pilot for, uh, I was, uh, I've done a number of things. Whoa. I've done a number of things like at Earwolf. So I did the pilot at Earwolf, but the series is actually going forward at HeadGum. Right. And... So we're working on the first season now. And the it's it's very interesting because I'm doing I'm working on so many episodes at once. Right. Because the way it has to sort of work is uh, I gotta talk to people and then like I have a structure in mind for episodes, but then that changes once you talk to people. Right. You learn new things. You realize, like, oh, this yes. is a different thing. And so you, I'll sort of, like, write an idea of what I think the episode will be. Right. Then I do interviews. Then we edit those. Then I got to rewrite it to give it a new shape. Right. And uh, so right now I'm, like, trying to schedule all these different interviews and conversations. I just did a two-hour conversation with the actor who replaced me on Band of Brothers. Oh, that's so fun. And... So we're in the process of trying to edit that down to a more listenable. I mean, right. I think the I, I think the for me the whole two hours is listenable, but I want to make a version that people yes. will. Uh, you've got to try to get the essence of it, right? Which is a very you know tricky and delicate thing. So right now, I'm in the process of like some people I need to talk to are people who live in LA so it's like trying to schedule a time when they're available to go to the studio in LA and I'm available to go to the studio in New York right and the studio is available at that time in both places and so there's just a lot of moving parts of course um but hopefully once it comes together uh it'll be is it this way uh and, and and one of the episodes I'm really excited about is I'm going to do an episode that's kind of like, it'll be like our Monster of the Week episode in that it's it's related thematically to the Band of Brothers story. Right. But it's actually about a different movie 
and a different thing that I auditioned for and didn't end up getting the job. Yeah, that's fun. And, and I think it's like, if the Band of Brothers mystery is like a long-term mystery, right? because uh, I actually learned some things talking to the actor who replaced me about timeline of when what happened that I didn't know. We like, we like oh, in, interesting. in conversation discovered, I'm not going to say it on here, but I'll remind me to tell it to Oh, that's so later. interesting. I think I know what happened. Oh, oh, wow. It's amazing the way we learned it. And, because uh, it's not the kind of thing you can plan for. It's right. like leaving room for those like that's unexpected things. That's fascinating. So, but there's a standalone mystery. It's, like, it's sort of like uh, in trying to uncover uh, Twin Peaks, who killed, what's her name? Yeah, then discovering something yes. else that's like, yeah, discovering the Black Lodge or something. Exactly. Um, but, but like the... There it is. The Tom Hanks, we're by the big tree at Rockefeller Center. Yeah. Let's go over and look at the ice skating a little bit. Um, you always do this to me. Why? I get cold. But and if then, we go near the ice skating, it'll be warm. We, then we get out of outside FAO shorts and we can't go inside. Not yet. Um, <laughs> the... But the, also, the, it's not gonna be warm over by the ice skating. You just lied to me. No, because it's colder on the ice than it is uh, not near the ice. What? It's colder to touch the ice than it is to be. Like all the heat from the skaters will come off the. <laughs> like, ice. Okay, you just changed your approach there. <laughs> um, uh, the long-term mystery. You of could the, rent skates and go skating. Of the Tom Hanks thing, you've seen the video of me skating. Oh yeah, you can't. Really I do can't it. even do it. Um, the Tom Hanks mystery is like a long-term thing that may or may not unfold. The one that is a standalone one, I think I can solve it in one episode. And That's I think it'll so be, fun. And I'm really excited to put that one together. Um, but I hate the process of scheduling. I hate the process of like asking people and then being like, sorry to bother you again. How about next Wednesday from like between this and this? And you're doing it with time zones right. and with... All right, let's go to FAO Schwartz. I don't Just think I've ever one. made you audition for anything, right? Um... I don't think so. Not even like a self-tape or something like I recently did a project that I I wasn't the like Plus for just one second, JD. only EP on it. And Hold I on. wanted to cast Let's get the FAO in the middle. You go yeah. That should have been a video. I wanted to cast James Dwyer, and the person whose project company was like, made him do a self-tape. And I was like, no, just cast him. Yeah, that's crazy. Posting that photo? Yeah. Um, from so the here we are. Day, uh, Twitter. Yeah. Um, let me see if Zach has contacted us. We are in FAO Schwartz now, in case you can't hear. I will say. Yeah. 
maybe it's because usually we come later at night. Yeah. It feels like there's more people working here. Yeah. For like, staff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go upstairs this way. Okay. Um. I feel more exposed than I normally do here. Yeah. Well, it's a different vibe in this one, you know? But like, then usually we've come to this one in the past. Some I think it was the nighttime, yeah, the I nighttime energy maybe. Which you would think would be maybe wilder or something. Yeah. Because it's not super crowded. It's not no. like, this isn't like Holiday Rush. No. Um, but I know what you mean. Um, uh, now upstairs. I was hoping maybe our friend was back. Oh, is that still up more or is that? Yeah, I think it is. Um, oh, this is messed up. What? It's like weird flat. This is a build about. I know, but this doesn't seem messed up to you? That it's just like the skin of a bear? That's how you build a bear. Doesn't that look like someone has vivisected a teddy bear yeah, and left the gonna, skin behind? You're going to build that bear. What do you think when you look at this? Just like oh my god. It is dark. Hello. How are you? Okay, here's my question now. So there's a Build-A-Bear for Spongebob. But what can you do to Spongebob other than just put his insides back in him? There's not much to do, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he doesn't require a lot of building. Hold on, I want to film that thing again. Oop, I'm so sorry. Um, that was a horrible. Don't post that. It's slow motion. <laughs> I don't want to. I'll edit you I don't out want of my it weird face in there. I'll, yeah. I'll edit you out of it, man. Um, Whoa. Well, we're. Ooh, the puzzle section. We're in the puzzle section. Oh, you want to know what game? This is going to sound like a parody of myself. We had this game as a kid, and I played it all the time. Labyrinth. Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's actually a good game. I'm not surprised to hear that either. Um, we're gonna we're walking over now toward the very the land. Uh, of, it's a little upsetting. <laughs> in the baby section right now. Well, we're walking over toward the land of very expensive. Yeah. Toys. Oh my gosh! Talk about Dark Crystal. Look at this. This is the. Is that Dark Crystal? No, I'm just saying it's it looks generic. like. What is it supposed to be? Mm. Uh oh. I knocked it over. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. They're, they're gone. No, uh, some of them are gone. Oh, some I of think them. That, Do you think someone bought them? Mm, I don't know. I think they probably shift some out because they're not, like, big sellers. Yeah. Um... Um, Stripes are a combination of our color changing and erasing colors. I read over with Magic Man says 
I like these penguins. Um, we're just wandering around where the expensive uh, stuffed animals are. How much do you think this, this uh, big bear is? Big Coca-Cola bear. I don't know. It's a lot. How much do you imagine the horses? This is gonna be thousands of dollars, right? It's gotta be. Five thousand? It's amazing. And it scares me to even bring this up. Like, it's right by a ledge. And it wouldn't take much effort to knock over this big stuff polar bear. So go tumbling over the hedge. And maybe like land on a person. And it would be the most terrifying. Yeah. I don't know how badly it would well, hurt. Well, the thing you. I was just thinking about when you started saying that is yeah. I was like, you, you could, there could be a human inside here. Mm-hmm. It's big enough. It's big enough for, you could put two humans in there. It would not be comfortable, but like. But you could. If you had to. Ooh, I don't like Paddington. This is bad. Why? You don't like him or you don't like this one? This one looks upsetting. Yeah, it looks like he doesn't want to be here. It looks like this is, it looks like the alien from uh, Meatballs 2 or whatever, Meatballs 3. Yeah, he looks like he's seen something. Yeah. Um, were we here last year or two years ago? Uh, last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because, like, I get a certain amount of, like, it's like a blend of chaos and comfort. Yeah. Because I... I don't want anything from here. You right. know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But I have enough, like, um, sort of vestigial kind of positive associations. Right. That um, it's nice to be in toy stores like this because it reminds me of how much it used to be exciting. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting how unexcited I am for the things now. Yeah. Um, and yet if someone said, if someone said, uh, here's a thousand dollar gift card or something, it would be very easy to find what I, you know, like I could be really? like, oh, I'll get these because I get presents for people or I oh, get yeah. like, this is a nice puzzle, I'll like hang that up on the wall or something, you know, like there would be, Yeah. but it's, it's different. That's if you had like a, like you I, had it, it would be easy yeah. to spend in a way that if you gave me a thousand dollar Amazon card, I might think more, like, oh, what do I really want? Yeah. Whereas, like, it would be just like free. Like, what's this? Oh, that's neat. Let's do this. Yeah. Or, you know. It's weird how like I have an impulse now because I give stuff out at the George Lucas talk show. Right. Where I'll like see a Star Wars thing and be like, I'll buy that, and it's funny to give away. Right. And other people get excited about the thing that is like. Right. And yet, for me, it's only like X, per, X percent of the pleasure is in me having the thing. Well, because I think um, there is a special element that is added in the giving process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. I like, I like the, the style of the 
new FAO, like the the, the branded FAO, the branded Schwartz. FAO Schwartz stuff, has got like a a nice aesthetic to it. You know, it's like a little fancy and a little bit fun. Yeah. Anything that I see. Jumanji. Um, Perplexus. That feels like a very JD toy. What is it? Feels like a puzzle game, but I don't see it. Yeah, it's like a confusing thing. Oh, there. I knew it was a Simpsons shirt. I was like, I saw it. Oh, you're looking at my, yeah. Yeah. Did you know that we sell uh, the, what is it called? The Flamin' Moe's as an energy drink downstairs. Really? No, I did not know that. Have you tried it? My boyfriend did. Yeah. Yeah, and he liked the Flaming Moe's better than the original, like, Duff one, because we have both down there. All right. And they're both refrigerated, so if you wanted to get one and drink it around the store, you should. <laughs> I may do that. I yeah. may do that. Yeah. As soon as I, I see, like, anything Simpsons, I'm like, you have to try it. <laughs> it's, I'm exactly the target market for that. Yeah, no, I have, like, three very old Simpsons Christmas T-shirts that when it gets, when it turns to this time of year, I'm like... Oh, I'll, like, pull out those, like, yeah, old sure. Simpsons, like, this is, like, from 1990, this yeah. shirt. That's it's, amazing. It's, I'm swearing it's, like, the Bart Simpson Peace on Earth Man Christmas shirt. Right. But, yeah, they're right downstairs down the ramp past the raceway. Now I feel like I have to. Yeah. So. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for the recommendation. All right. All right, yeah. definitely. Thank you. That's also, like extra content for the episode now if, we, if I try that drink. Well, what I think is funny is that I noticed as you're talking, yeah. the way that you're talking yeah. makes it sound like you're slightly off. Why? Because you're like overtly describing. Oh, right, right. Because she doesn't know we're doing a podcast, so I was being like helping the listener describe my So you're like, you're like, yeah, it's like a bar, man. And it's like, and you're sort of looking at me as you say it. And yeah. In a normal conversation, it would be like, yeah, I know, I see it. Yeah. What's happening? I'm looking at dinosaurs. Now we both sound off. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is funny how we don't recognize. That it sounds weird because we're broadcasting. What are these from? Um, Eldrador creatures. Uh, I guess YouTube? Huh. Yeah, I guess we sound like real weirdos when we podcast. Maybe. I'm just sending Zachary FAO, FAO. He hasn't responded, so I'm hoping that, that signal boosts. Oh, yeah. We can go walk on other stores, too. Yeah. We gotta go around. Um. I Now JD, you we were talking before this episode and you were saying you have things you can't talk about. Uh what do you mean? Like you, that means when you're busy, you're usually busy with things that involve like signing things that say that you can't talk about them, right? Yeah, or just stuff that like it would, or that it would be like uh, uh, oh, here's their Funko wall. Inappropriate. What are these called? Funko Pops. Right. Do um, you collect these? You do sort of. Um, I, I have so many that it probably looks like I do, but I am pretty selective about. 
like I, I got like the Twin Peaks ones. Right. Because, and I got like the Arrested Development ones because I kind of felt like those were things where it's like there aren't that many toys. Right. Or even anything like associated with. When I'm going to start. Josh Baskin from. From Big. Weird. Well, I'm going to start. It's not weird that they would sell those here. Yeah, oh, you're right. Um, I am going to start, I, I think, think about that. for Dead Eyes. Uh, and maybe this is tacky. I don't know. You, you'll probably think this is very tacky, maybe. Okay. But I was going to set up, like, an online, like, one of those, like, wish lists where people can buy things. Right. For all the different Tom Hanks Funkos that are... Because uh, uh, he has them for Castaway and Forrest right. Gump and Big and... Uh, David Pumpkins. They're like, there's so many Tom Hanks. I don't want to be the candy section. And uh, they, they, um, the Funkos all have kind of dead eyes because right. they're all like those like big dots. And I think it'd be funny if people like uh, wanted to buy a like that's the thing you could do for the podcast. Is right. like I bought them the you know. Right. The castaway variant. I don't think it's tacky. It's not something I would do, but... You wouldn't do it if you were running a podcast. Right, but I also don't want stuff. Yeah. No, I just like the idea that if I did a live episode of it, we yes. would like set them up as like the set dressing, and they would be like, these are from our... These are gifts right. from... Oh, here's your... Uh... And that's just mine. It's yours as well. It's the Star Wars uh, display. But these would be things I would buy for the show. Is this, is this canon? That Yoda candy. has candy for brains. Darth Vader, uh, they, all these characters have candy in their brains. <laughs> it's candy. I wish that would happen in the movie. If, if you're like, this is actually a scene that was cut out. You know, we, I always intended for them to have candy in their brains. Uh, there was a scene where uh, originally when he took off the helmet in uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, he explained that if he wished he never had candy for brains. Um, what are, what are we looking at? It says it's a two-in-one hoodie. So it's a hoodie that then becomes a little Darth Vader. Yeah, I guess so. But is it for kids? Oh, here. Kids? Here's an example. Yeah, it's for a small child. <laughs> you were yeah. hoping you could get one? No, but I just, I liked knowing that it was a thing. Um, Shall we? Shall we? We didn't end up buying that drink. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't feel comfortable in there. It's a little, uh, I don't know, a little off. Yeah. We're a little off, and it's a little off. Yeah. Uh, but you're warmed up a little, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the metal microphone was like my hands cold. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I... So I mean, am I they... wrong in saying that you're... You're busy? Um, I am. Uh, I, I have a, well, it's interesting because for the first time in a long time, I have my own projects that I'm trying to get made. That's great. So I was out in LA pitching projects of my own. And so I can say whatever I want to say because it's my project. Yeah, you can pitch them uh, to the listener. I'm not going to do that. You're um, a listener. But this one of them, is the part where we pitch you projects. One of them was a kid's show, so yeah. I was out pitching that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, God, it's been a blast. 
Oh, there's a oh, there's a thing I wanted to tell you. Oh. oh. Uh oh. Oh no. Is it okay? You dropped the mic. JD dropped the mic on the wet ground. But the little fuzz top stayed up, so it didn't get wet. It's good. good. Is there a? I should have done this. Let me do this. Is there a restroom somewhere? Test, test, test. JD. Let's see. What restroom could you use around here? There's F.L. Schwartz. Is there one down there, do you think? Down below? Yeah. Yes, I know there is. All right. I've been to it. All right. That um, is one of the games of New York City. Or we could go to, uh, I know there's nice restrooms. It's over by Times Square, though. Just a little bit of a walk. Yeah. That big hotel. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I was going to blind item something to you. All right. It's not that excite. It's it's not something that would really excite the listener, but it's just something I don't want to talk about since it's not for sure. Yeah. It's not anything yet. Yeah. Um, A thing you're working on. Yes. Um, But I just had someone, a big person. Uh, Where do we go to go agree, down? Agree. Oh, I don't know. I was just. I think I need to go into the elevator, or I guess you can walk down. That's fine. There was a, a big person that was very on board. Uh huh. So it seems like that might happen. That's great. Yeah. JD just showed me a text screen with a written message for me. Giving me uh, the, the lowdown on some news. Wouldn't that be fun, though? That would be great. So I have lots and of things like that. that. Yeah. Um, we are approaching the elevator for the uh, Rock Center Concourse shops. Um, no message back from Zach yet. Weird, I wonder if, uh, he disappeared. Zach's out. He uh, already went home. He says Annabelle is homesick and wanted him to pick up some stuff. Oh, got it. Where does he live? Yeah, because we could go to his neighborhood. Um, I also message... Alex Dixon to see if she she been on the podcast before? Uh, yeah. You should have Alex. Yeah. That would honestly be great. Uh, she's teaching till 5, so we could head over oh, yeah, that'd be perfect. to uh, the, by the training center. That would be a warm area to go into as well. That would be perfect. Alright. Here we are again on our own. Where are the restrooms at? So, I believe let's get our bearings, but I think it's they're sort of hidden because I don't think they want people they to don't. use them. That's sort of one of my favorite things is that like all these places usually have them. But they don't want everybody to know. Yeah. Because they like people to use them as infrequently as possible. Because this is a big city. I think they're over here. Mm-hmm. All right. 
normally, uh, if I remember correctly, we were walking, we were underground in Rockefeller Center. Walking past, there's a lot of places to eat, various seasonal places. There's a, a Starbucks with a giant seasonal display of various things. Um, there's a lot of these little underground malls in New York. Yeah. Um, but. Such a strange city. It is something like that, though, mm -hmm. where it's just sort of hidden, right, and not well labeled. We passed a weird little inlet. Is this? No. strange. <laughs> yeah, so there's all these oh there. See what I mean? It's like very yeah. slyly labeled. I'm not wrong, there was a air, little tiny sign, right? Yeah. What's up? are almost like the kind of thing that you would put if you were wanting to have like a secret meeting. Yeah, no, this is not. It's not it? So weird, right? Well, that was just one, it was for a, a ladies' room. But it's going the opposite direction. Yeah. But presumably, does that mean that you should not listen to it if it's uh, if you're looking for a men's room? Yeah, I guess. It truly feels like we're in like a uh, escape room. Cause it's like, I want to say like a three inch tiny little. Yeah. And there's another sign. It must be that it's on the opposite side. Right. And there's a weird way to do it. This is so strange. Um. I think it'll be on this side. Wait, let's see. Oh, wait, that. you're looking at the directory. Okay. Is it upstairs, maybe? There's the woman's room there. There's the men's room there. So we have to go this way. Yeah. That's so strange that there's just a women's room. It's not strange. It's because you have to factor in, and I think this is true of any public, public building, that there always is a longer line for the women's restroom than there is for the men's room. Right. And so it stands to reason that you should always have more of them. Right. To 
like whatever is, like let's say they figured out this is the amount of uh, men's rooms we need. There's a sign. This is the amount we need. Then See what it's I'm like, saying? Isn't this so strange? It's very strange. But if, if this is the amount that we need, then it's like take that number and make it more. Here, do you want to give me your mic? Yeah. You keep talking. I'll keep talking and then we'll switch. All right. I keep talking. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I'm going to hold up my phone. So it looks like I'm talking to my phone so I don't seem crazy. Yeah, so here we are in the basement of Rockefeller Center. Um, it's a weird little area. Um, outside the doors to the Today Show, I guess. There's a little barber shop down here. Um, I think it's interesting because there are some cities that have little avenues or nooks and crannies like in Minnesota they have the Skyway system and I know in Philadelphia they have the underground system and in New York they sort of have all of it because there's just so many people and things going on that any nook and cranny you can fit a whole ecosystem into they're going to do it um and because of that, there's all these little communities that based on where you work or what you do, you are exposed to different versions of this. So like where we are right now is probably something that for some people is like an everyday this is where they always have lunch or where they always go. But for people like me or Connor, we rarely go to these places. So it's strange. Um, we have to go to a different room, I guess, for that? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna hold on, just, just, let's just talk for a minute while I... Uh, dry. Dry, because I'm going to get the microphone away. Okay, got it. Yeah, you've muted yourself. How long was I muted for, do you think? Probably just that bathroom out. Do you think you muted me whenever I gave you the microphone? I think you muted yourself. I'm kidding. I don't remember pushing that button. Yet. Um, we'll wonder, find out. Oh, I wonder how long of the podcast we're going to redo. No, because I, I, w- I check every okay. now and then. So I know that... Before I went to the bathroom, you were good. Okay, great, great. So at the worst, we've cut like out that time. Minutes, yeah. Yeah. Um, test, test. JD test, is test, too loud. Connor, Connor, test. There we go. Great. Yeah. Um, no, don't fret. It was not. All right, good. Long time. Um, did you check your messages? Messages. Texts. No. I sent you a little something. You and Patrick. Is that you? That's me. I followed Wilford Brimley when Patrick told me to, and Wilford Brimley... Immediately followed back. Um, I, I really do like the idea of us doing a screening of the Ewok movies, just to see them with an audience. The one thing I wish... Right. And I don't know if there's a possible way for this to ever happen anyway, but I realize, like, I have the DVDs that came out of those. Right. And they're... 4-3, they're full screen, TV, right. aspect ratio. But they released those in movie theaters in Europe. So my assumption is that there are widescreen versions of those movies. You know? Yeah. That exist. I'm texting David and Griffin right now. Yeah. And 
And I wonder if we could, if there's any way to find out about screening those for an audience. If there's any way to ever make it happen. Because I also feel like when Disney Plus puts those on, which they will eventually, whether they whether there's some mileage in putting the widescreen versions, you yeah. know, because that would be a world premiere. It'd be like here's like two kind of cute, kind of dated, you know, right. adventure movies that are canon and weird and crazy and fun. But I also have. Oh, this is the thing I was saying before, is that Griffin, and I don't know if this is a thing they've talked about on their podcast or if I'm not supposed to say this or not. Right. But you know when they did their James L. Brooks yeah. series? And they did a lot of talking about I'll Do Anything? Yes. And speculating that it was probably a lot better with the songs. Right. And then someone sent them oh. a secret file. Right. I won't say of what. But you can guess. Right. And I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. That's great. And there's certain things that I think, like, you're not supposed to show. You're not, there are things that people aren't supposed to have. Yes. There are things people aren't supposed to show to other people. But that they are fun works of art. And they are, like, things that have been smuggled around that are interesting. Right. Well, one of my, so one of the best gifts I think I've ever given was this past Christmas. I spent years and years tracking this down. Mm -hmm. And I finally got a hold of a bootleg recording of the Bowie concert that my dad and I went to in Chicago. Oh, right. Yeah. And I finally got a hold of it. And so I made like a CD for my dad that was the exact concert we were at. That's so good. And it's like. It was really hard to find mm -hmm. because it was a tour where he did like, you know, 30 stops or something. Right. And this was one of the two or three Chicago nights. And it was like finding that exact one. Mm -hmm. And then when you find it, it just feels like this thing that's so special. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, I have a I thing. actually don't know where we're going right now, but I sort of like the idea that we're just wandering through the catacombs. I mean, I feel like we're heading west. I actually couldn't tell you. I could be wrong. We could be heading exactly east. I almost feel like it'd be fun for us to just go into some buildings and see where we could get to. Do you want to try that? And it's just, the, the game is how far can we get? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like we're kind of doing that right now, just in terms of, I don't know where this escalator goes. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's just sort of a fun New York yeah. experience. Um, I, I have a thing that I want to do which is, uh, I have a notion of doing a live episode of Dead Eyes. Right. And I want to do, I was thinking of like, well, what's a fun thing to do? Uh, and I have, 
an unauthorized thing. So we're going east or west side, right? Yeah. That way. Yeah. Um, I did an edit recently of the movie Sully. Really? And did you see that movie? No. I think my edit of the movie Sully is a half hour long. And I think it's great. And I think the parts I cut out of it, which is most of the movie, it's like, I think I cut like an hour out of the movie. Right. And what I realized as I was going through it is how much the parts that are left in my cut of it, I think are extraordinary, like in terms of what they created. Right. It's almost just recreation, but it's done very, very well. Yeah. And my half hour of it is basically just 30 minutes worth of the incident with the airplane. Right. But he films it so many different ways. Like there are versions of it that are from different points of view and there are versions of it that take longer than others and they all lead towards a final real-time cut that borrows from each version. Right. But it's the exact timing of how little time he had to make this decision in right. the air about how to land the plane. And so it's like a, a great short film. Like it's a great short film about a crisis and the way it felt to different people in different ways. And the rest of that movie, and I think it'd be great to just show people just this, just right. this 30 minute cut of the feature film Sully. Uh, but the things that, the things that are, that I cut from it include Clint Eastwood's um, decision to make it political where the villains of the story are the, the regulators afterwards who like ask questions about what happened. Right. Eastwood decided that they would be the bad guys. Ooh, I love whatever's happening right now light-wise. It's so strange. It's kind of this weird twilight. Yeah. Where it's... You've spoken before about how much you hate, like, the electric daylight of Times Square. We were talking about this last night, yeah. But, uh... No, you talked about it on this podcast years ago, but we were walking through Times Square. But literally last night... Yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Um, we can go up to the Marriott... We could do anything we wanted. What time is it? It's like four. Oh, so you just want to move. Yeah, I think we'll just make our way down. Um, but Eastwood decided that he wanted the bad guys to be like those like bureaucrats who like ask Sully, like, were you, did you have anything to drink? Do you think you could have landed somewhere else? Do you think you could have, like, and they're portrayed as these like scumbag villains who make Sully's life a living hell in the aftermath of his act of heroism. Yeah. And it's very strange because the message of the movie is that Sully says, I'm not a hero. I'm just part of a team of people who all did our jobs right. Right. And everybody who was working from the air traffic controllers to the flight attendants to uh, the people working the, the rescue boats. Yeah. We all worked together so that we could save our own lives. Right. And in real life, Sully made them take out some parts of the movie because Sully said, I include the regulators in this 
because what they did was they asked the necessary and correct questions about what happened yeah. that led to the creation of like a hundred new rules and practices that will prevent this from happening a second time. Right. And that's like, that's the learning. That's like the part of, yeah. that's like the part of government that is like, that's what government is supposed to do is like figure things out and figure out a way to, can we do things better? Right. Can we make things safer? Can we make sure we don't make mistakes a second time? And so, but that's not really the message you get when you watch the movie. When you watch the movie, especially if you don't know, like I didn't know when I first saw it in the theater, I didn't know what was true and what was made up. Yeah. So after the movie, I was kind of, kind of mad. And I went, looked to one of those articles that they do now, which I think are a great service, where you see a movie based on facts, and then like Vulture or Time or whoever yeah. will do like an article saying, here's what's real, here's what they changed, etc. Because sometimes it's just like, they, these were three people and they made it one. Right. Because it would be too hard to establish three people. And, right. Or this guy had a family, but... That's a real New York scene, huh? Yeah. Just steam, steam coming out through pouring there. out of the vents. Uh, like Chernobyl, the show Chernobyl. Yes. Like... How they'll the, combine... The main character had a family. Right. But they were like, to include lots of scenes of him calling his wife, calling, talking about his kids and stuff like that... Right. We already have those scenes from other characters, so it kind of was like, we don't need it. It just adds questions, it adds uh, time. There, there's something wrong with all of this. There's something Look, wrong that it's like... It's coming out through the yeah. streets. Ooh, there's like Ghostbusters too. That's actually really cool. And it smells Look, it's horrible. Like, that's um, so wild, actually. Yeah. That's actually really cool. The steam is actually coming up through the street. Like it's punched holes in the street. Yeah. And, and, there's smells, and there's environmental production trucks around. Yeah, that, we just walked past something bad. Yeah. Uh, down this way? Yeah, sure. Um, and... We're actually, what avenue is this? Uh, we go one further. Yeah, just to make it easier? Yeah, just so it's less. Yeah, hold on one second. That was actually sort of wild. Alex can't because she has a class at Hunter, so it doesn't matter anyway. Okay. Sort of wild. Pretty wild, I think. Hmm. Well, we're, we can go anywhere. You want to go up more towards Central Park? Okay. Where can we? What is there to do up around there? We'll figure out something once we're up there. Sure. Let's go. Let's go. Let's wide go over west one then up, yeah. up over. Yeah. Um. The. What I was saying before, um, what were we talking about before that? Um, oh, Sully, yeah. Yeah, combining anyway, so, characters. So, but there's, there, there was an investigation, but nobody was ever questioning Sully that this is your fault, 
They were just like doing the proper things. Yeah. And if you watch the movie, if you believe it, it'll make you angry yeah. that they did this to him. And it, it honestly made me even angrier when I realized like, you tricked me into thinking that he, he was like Richard Jeweled. Right. Which Eastwood is now doing the Richard Jewell movie. <laughs> and it's like, it does a disservice to Richard Jewell that you just made a movie about, uh, where you made up a thing. Right. And now you're gonna tell the story you know what I mean? It's just like the more, it just like muddies the... Right. Like we li- I feel like we do live in an age where it's just like how like fake news was originally about pro-Trump stories. And yeah. then he adopted it as a thing where he just says fake news about right. real journalism. Uh, which is like a crazy double bluff of, right. uh, of the difference between... Speaking of which... Yeah. Uh, no, it's not this block. It's a couple left. Was where the president show? We did. Uh, no. Uh, yes, but honk goes the truck. Oh right. Actually, it might have been this street. Really? Yeah. Or else it was either this street or like three streets south. Uh, honk goes the truck was one of the classic president show uh, bits be sought out if you haven't seen it yeah i think it was i think this is it right here this doesn't look like what i pictured uh then maybe it's that looked more residential to me yeah it might be a block over a block down further yeah um in fact it, i think it is a block down further was yeah. a was a uh big truck even supposed to go down these streets i think it was a special situation mm-hmm. i have no idea um Well, in any case, I'm looking forward to showing that at some point because I think it'll be... Yeah, that, I love that. Uh, oh, this is... Oh, wow. What? Wait, here, let's cross up. Is this your uh, trauma? Yeah. I think the building's gone. Oh, is it that gap in the middle? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's literally like that, uh, like that thing in the Tim Burton Willy Wonka. Uh, remake with the uh, isn't that the thing where like the house is gone in the middle yeah or wait is that oh no that used to be the McDonald's I guess so gossip used to be trauma then so we're looking at a city block where there was a building and now the building in the middle is gone yes so uh Yeah, so gossip used to be trauma. And that that. used to be a McDonald's. And that's gone? Uh, No, I think it's just closed off, maybe. There was no higher floor? No, I don't think so. Okay. Because that's weird if they were able to just, like, pull it out like a Lego. Yeah. I feel like they'd have to chip away the building by hand. Lloyd's office. Mm -hmm. That's so weird seeing this building like this. Yeah, Lloyd... Lloyd uh, was one of the people right, yes. that uh, we were referencing before as catmonologists who had a uh, rough, time. Rough, rough time in front of the Didn't... millennial crowd. He was actually weird because he was a friendly guy. You had to, you've told the story yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes. But just like the up and down of uh, 
winning the audience back and then losing them again and then winning them back right. and then losing them again. Um, I, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this for people who haven't heard it. So uh, George Lucas Talk Show did Comic-Con again for the second time. And uh, this was in October. And I hope we get to do it again next year. It, it, it felt like, you know, there was a, a day, you know, you, you apply like far in advance right. for it. And then you hear about it and you have like a week and a half to confirm like your panel. Right. And this is like in August. So it's like, it's hard to confirm guests that far in advance for right. a thing like this because people just don't know what they're doing. They don't know how they're going to feel. Right. A lot of the people that you might get who might be great for something like that, they might not know till the day of whether they want to do it, you know? Truly. And we didn't get a, an email back on the day that they sent out all the response, all the, uh, the emails saying you got in. Right. So I assumed we hadn't gotten in. And so I tweeted a thing saying like, well, we haven't gotten an email. I assume this means we didn't get in, but I don't know. And they respond, New York Comic Con responded by saying, check your email. Uh, I said, we didn't get an email. And I looked in spam, I looked everywhere, right. and we didn't get an email. And then right. when I said we didn't get an email, then we instantly got an email saying, you're in. Huh. But our slot was at uh, 9.15 on Friday night. Now, they start closing things down starting at 6. Oh, so, wow. like, the main floor is closed at 7. For a, I was going to say, oh, that sounds like a really good time. For a normal thing, it would be. Right. But for people who got there in the morning, it means the main, the main floor is closed at 7. Artist Alley was closed at 8. So you're, in some cases, asking people to stay behind, like, two hours after everything closes. Right. At the Javits Center. Which is a lot. You know, like, I figure we maybe lose potentially half of our potential audience just to, like, we're leaving. Right. Because even if you're like, Javits Center is a place where it's like, if you decide you're going to leave and go to dinner someplace else, you're not going back. Right, exactly. Uh, and we had a great lineup of people, but it, we didn't necessarily have, like, last year we had uh, Sonia Manzano from Sesame Street. We didn't have anyone who was, like, a real wild card yeah. that you couldn't see somewhere else. We had Will Butler from Arcade Fire. We had guests who were not part of Comic-Con otherwise, whereas everyone this year was someone that you could go see at three in the afternoon do something else right? and then be done with it. But for this one, we were really trying to get, and we knew it was a long shot, Billy D. Williams was there for Comic-Con, huh. but he's an older guy now, and he's already doing like three days of full Comic-Con day. It's and a Star lot, Wars stuff, yeah. Yeah, uh, of actual stuff. It's a lot to say like, hey, you wanna stick around when you're done at 7, do you want to stay here till 9.15 and then do an hour? And, but we were still, like, doing what we could yeah. to let it be known, like, hey, if you're up yeah. and you're around, you know. Uh, so I ordered on eBay, Billy Dee Williams had a, a fragrance in 1991 called Undeniable. Right. And this, he had a, a women's cologne and a men's aftershave. Sure. And I ordered unopened bottles of these from eBay for like a few dollars each. And I was thinking, you know, we're gonna give away 
I had Young Indiana Jones Chronicles trading cards, so everyone would get one of those. Right. I had other prizes, but then I was also like, one of the prizes would be everybody who wants one can get a spritz of Billy D. Williams Undeniable. And that's going to be one of the... Right. If Billy D. doesn't make it, we'll have his scent. Right. And at the beginning of the panel, and this is in a huge room, the beginning of the panel, I spritzed it in the air just as a little, like, right. teaser sample. And JD, it was like a chemical warfare attack. You know how big those rooms are, yeah, Javis. Yeah, gigantic. Griffin and Patrick are over at the far wall, and within seconds, they are reacting to the smell. The front three rows, it's like I took them out immediately. Was it like a big spray that you did? I did like, just like, right. like you would do at a perfume counter or something. Right. It's just like, truly not that much. But it was like, it was like, if this was like an 80s movie, it would be like uh, opening the containment unit in Ghostbusters. It was just like right. bigger than you anticipated it was going right. to be. And the audience never fully recovered. Like it became, one guy later on asked for a spritz of it. And I, I went, al- it was enough time to pass that I went along with it. But I've never, I don't think I've ever had an audience angrier at me for complying when the guy said for my prize can I get a spritz oh my god and I did it and it was crazy powerful what was that what was the scent like it was musky ugh and I'm sure it changed over the decades but I I anticipate that it grew stronger right with time um I don't know. I don't know. That's so interesting. And Billy D did not show up. He did not show up. Um, which is to be expected. Yeah, I get that. Um, but we are actually now heading up close to MNN. Yeah. Not far from there. Which. Transitions us a little bit, if we want, to a recent project that I did that I wouldn't mind talking about. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, Talk-A-Doodle-Doo. Uh-oh. Police, the police are doing something? Yeah, someone getting in trouble. Um, dear listener, viewer, if you haven't watched Talk-A-Doodle-Doo... Are you doing... Oh, go ahead. Am I doing what? No. Talking to a Duel was Connor's episode of Chris Gethard's new public access YouTube program. Chris Gethard presents. Every week, a different comedian is given like the hour to do whatever they want, sort of. And I decided that I wanted to do a show that would showcase a certain kind of performance, a certain kind of like, certain kind of thing that I feel like I get to do a lot live on stage. But, which I, I don't necessarily think I've seen a lot on film in any. Right. Uh, and, and it's, a, and it's like, it felt, we, you know, we were doing this live and we were doing it um, on, with no rehearsal, just a, a, a very brief amount of like camera blocking. Right. And 
uh, basically was telling a story of a farmer who has a talking rooster and he tries to do a talk show with this talking rooster and it goes very badly. And it's great, the whole thing's phenomenal. And it goes in place to directions that you don't imagine. Yeah, and just was really a chance for me to do a lot of things that I wanted to do. And it got me thinking and I feel like I've arrived at a place now where I, I have a goal, which is uh, I, I want to try and use Talk a Doodle Do as a. Hey, look at this. What's happening? Big news. Really? Do you think that's real? I don't know. There's uh, a magazine that said that Tom Cruise quit Scientology. It was In Touch magazine, which doesn't, I don't, I'm not familiar enough to know how reliable they are. Do you know? No, I don't. Um, that would be an interesting turn of events, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be a real game changer. Truly. Test JD. Test Connor. We're good to go. Um, I just always like to check. Talking to do. I feel like I want to use that hour, which was done with no rehearsal, with malfunctioning equipment, because yeah. like computers broke within minutes of it starting, so we were sort of like, everyone behind the scenes was kind of in chaos. But I feel like it is the equivalent of like a four track demo of a song, like a home demo of a song, sort of. Right. And. I want to try and use that hour of tape at some, over the next three years. That's sort of the window that I'm giving myself to try to make this happen. I have an idea that it's somewhat fluid in terms of what the format could be in terms of like the content. Like I'd be yeah. open to shaping it in a variety of ways, but it's more of an approach. And it would basically be like, I want to be able to do five to ten half-hour episodes of television, which would basically involve me and a, group, a, a, a revolving group of different actors, improvisers, performers, Right. Uh, where what it would involve is a little bit of production design to create a set to film in in a small studio in New York where we'd be in that studio for a day filming. Right. And then we have a little time to take what we get that day. So it'd be largely improvised around a structure. So we'd have an idea for each of the five to 10. These are what we're doing. These are what, who's in it. Uh, around a structure, same, same way we did with Talk A Doodle Do, where there was a structure we knew what was going to happen. But instead of it being live you have one shot right. at it that you have the day to like let's take that again or let's get coverage of you reacting to that things that give you options to kind right. of craft it a little bit and but it would still essentially feel like a new version a modern version of what like early television felt like right with a little bit more of the production flair of what something can look like now right um 
five to 10 episodes of that, that you can shape a little and rather than, I realized that for a long time I've sort of been thinking of things I want to do and I think about them in terms of like, well, if I could just do this, right. it would lead to something else. Like this could be a calling card that I could use to then get another show or then maybe we get another season. Sure. Truly, my goal is to make these five oh, to 10. Where you get ballet shoes. Five to 10 half hours of TV and then I'm satisfied. Like, right. I don't need anything else. If I get anything else, that's fine. But it's not like, uh, let's sit in that little, that little area near where that movie theater used to be that close. Or walk you want to do it Lincoln Lincoln Center? Center? Yeah, that's, you're right. You're right. Um, but you oh know my what God. I mean? But you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. That it's, I don't think that's unreasonable because. But it's the, uh, the way the industry works isn't about what's reasonable or unreasonable. I know. Um, what I need is someone who's willing to... Spend money on that. <laughs> well, take a small chance knowing that I think this is something that I can do. The money I think it would take to do this I think would be remarkably small even if everybody gets a nice payday for doing it like a nice day rate for doing right. it I don't think this would be a very expensive thing to do ooh what's this uh, what's what should we go down yeah um yeah I mean I think you should write up what your idea would be the well my thing is this that like um the the blue velvet model which was that Dino De Laurentiis was like David Lynch had made Dune right a big bomb lost a lot of money and then he's like, I want to make Blue Velvet, but I don't want you to give me any notes. Right. And Dino De Laurentiis was, I can't do that. Uh, you're going to get notes from me. Right. And David Lynch was like, please, I know what I want to make. Let me do this. He's like, I'll tell you what, if you can make it for less money than this, right. I'll give you no notes. And so David Lynch was like, okay. And he figured out a way to make Blue Velvet for less money than that. And it meant that like the risk, the risk is basically gone because it's like, well, I know if this is... If this is X good, then we won't lose money on it because we can get eyeballs on it. Or we can do it in this way. Yeah. It's and just the industry has changed so much from back then. Oh, yeah. That that number is so remarkably impossibly low that people would be willing to take that risk because the guarantee of getting money back is so little. I mean, what you're describing is my entire career. Right. <laughs> so I've been down that path. Mm -hmm. And it's just there's so many... You still have, you know... I, I think you could do it, but you just have to put together your pitch and your idea in the same way that you do anything else. Oh, yeah. But that's part of it is I think that I could show Talk a Doodle Do to enough people. I just need to find the one person who looks at it and sees like, oh, this is what you're capable of doing with literally nothing. Yeah. The thing that I've come to learn, though, is people, people don't aren't, they don't get it. They're not that creative. Well, so they don't, they don't look at that and go, oh, yeah, but it was live and this and that. They look at that and they go, oh, that's what it's going to look like? Uh, right. No, thanks then. And you're like, no, you don't get it. That was for no money. Right. And they can't imagine it. The amount of times that I have encountered that is insane to me. Yeah. I think that's what, just what I need to find. Well, if necessary, I'll raise the money myself. I don't think it's yeah. that much money. Because uh, there's that like, thing you were saying about, which is that like, the reason that M. Night is financing all his own things himself is because 
he couldn't believe that even when he pitched a low-budget horror movie that was like, there's no way you lose money on this. Right. That people looked at it and they couldn't see it. And yeah. so instead, he got to make all that money instead of them. Right. Um, should we go in there and sit? Yeah, sure. I was also thinking, I was like, what can we do around here? We could go see a movie. <laughs> we could. Um, you just hear the ambient noise of us watching a movie? Um, I... But all I need is to make those five to ten things, and then I don't need anything else, ever, for in my career, like, I, creatively. Yeah. Like, anything else that happens, happens. But that's all I want, is to be able to make, like, five to ten episodes of a thing that has the same feeling that Talking It'll Do has. Right. Not, not, I don't mean, like, subject matter or specific emotions. Right. But, like, uh, that has the same, like, commitment and aesthetic. Right. You know? Um... Because the other thing is that, like, some of the goals, some of the things that would be, like, in my head as goals formerly are no longer there. Right. Because, like, I no longer think about things in terms of, like, oh, it would be great if, like, uh, you know, I had a huge hit show or something. Those things fade the same way as everything else does. Right. That, like, if you talk to somebody about a show that was a big hit in the 1990s or the 1980s, eventually you just arrive at a point where every day a bunch more people are born who'll never have any idea what that thing was. Right. And, and then the next day more people are born who'll be like, never going to watch that thing. That like, right. Everything becomes like Dobie Gillis or something. It becomes right. like a show that people are like, what? And then maybe occasionally somebody might discover it. But I talked to a guy on a podcast the other day uh, who wanted to talk about Talk and Diddle Do. And he was just like, he's doing a podcast about like creativity and creative projects. And I was like, right. I'll talk to anybody about this because it's yeah. the only thing I want to do. Right. And he had just binge watched all of the Chris Gethard show That's last year. And I never think about people watching those old episodes. Yeah. I couldn't imagine it because to me it's like, uh, that's a, like an, an older chapter that's like just a bunch of memories and right. interesting things that happened. But I, I don't think of it as a show that like, well, yeah, you should go watch the old episodes. Yeah, exactly. It feels like... Like I couldn't imagine someone watching that like first episode. And then be like, I'm going to watch a hundred more of these. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there are people who are doing that. Not a lot, but like... Yeah. I think about the things that I was watching in my hometown and how many other people, when I was a teenager, how many other people in my hometown were watching those same things. It was probably nobody. Right. That it's like... Let's go find somewhere in Lincoln Center to sit. Yeah. Um, Walter Reed? Yeah. Is there a lot That's what I was going to say. We can go up here. Oh, yeah. Um... But it feels less arduous when I think about it in those terms. Right. 
that if I don't in the next year come close to finding somebody who's equally excited about the idea of making a thing like that, yeah, then I just start moving towards, well, how much, then I just need to find like, well, how much money do I need to make this? Right. Uh, how What's do I the get idea, that money? Though? The idea is, uh, well, I could write down, like right now, if we were going to give it all away, I could write down 10 ideas and be like, well, I right. want this idea, I want this idea. Because when it, it comes to all that stuff, like that's truly the inhibiting factor is like, whatever the idea is, then you can start trying to figure out how to make it. Right. Um, is this not Walter Reed anymore? It is. But I don't know if there's any public area. We can, I think the second you go in, they're like, you're going to a movie, right? Oh, right. Let's see. Oh, yeah, here. Oh, I thought there was a little sitting area. No. We'll go over. We'll go across there. There is, but you have to... You got to get through. There's people there. Um, truly, the idea is closer to... I mean, I had a framework for this when I was trying to sell it a couple of years ago. A similar thing, which was the, the stuck idea, which was just like each episode is like a monocene. It's like a... Right. It's in a different setting, but it truly would be like, I need a spaceship set... I need an old Western set. I need a this set. I'm going to tell these stories with these performers. Right. I need an elevator set. Uh, and it truly would be a thing that I would probably just be like. We're there. It would be like you and Tom Levin each doing half the episodes. Right. Uh, and what that would entail. Is this a place where we can get a coffee? Is that what that is? Let's see. We are at the reflecting pool yeah. by Lincoln Center, and it looks magical here right now. It is really beautiful. This is quintessential New York. But it's misty. I know. And so nice. Can you move your legs closer together? There we go. What a photo. Um. Um. Here's, here's another idea for something we could do right now. Yeah. This would be like the um, like podcast version of setting ourselves on fire. What? If you just hand me your mic and we both just jumped into the water right there and we become soaking wet. And we're just like, well, let's see what happens in the next six hours. We're soaking wet. Let's Looks sit. Like there's an inside area there we could sit, right? Really? Maybe. Um, if not, we can sit out here. But to me, it is like... I know that convincing other people to, like, give me the money I need is the big hurdle. Right. But it feels like less pressure if I know that, from my point of view, it's not so that I can get a second season of it or get a thing. I, I, I just need to get it made. Right. And then I don't care. Right. And I wouldn't necessarily tell that to the money people. 
You know what I mean? That wouldn't right. be like my pitch because there's no forward game in that. Uh, well, here's the thing that I've come to learn. Yeah. Is that the way that I think about things like this and the way that people that fund stuff like this think about it are vastly different. What do you think? So we're going to be able to get in here? Yeah, I think so. Um, because everyone who pays for a project presupposes that that will be the big thing that will make everybody money. Right. And most things fall short of that. Yeah. And, ooh, there's these little benches over here. We can do this, too. What's this? What is this? I don't know. Center yeah. Cafe. So everybody presupposes that this is going to be their like Jaws or their Star Wars. Or, or the their... thing that's going to make it big. Yeah. And most of the things fall short of that. And when yeah. they do, they're like bummed and upset. Right. But for me, those are usually the shows and movies that I like the most. Right. But for everyone else, those are failures. And so the things that for me are like, oh yeah, I'd be fine making a thing that just isn't a massive success, but it just like does well. And people right. are like, yeah. If they knew that's what you're aiming for, they would never right. sign on for it. Like, all the things that inspired me to want to work in this industry are things that, to the, gener- to the powers of be, were like failures. Right, like labyrinth. Right. For me, for me, what I'm thinking of is like... Like, like this- you, in or- my, I guess my whole point is, in order to have something like that, you'd have to be able to like, convince them that this will be the thing that will yeah. take off. And maybe um, it would be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's far-fetched, actually. Um, and it may be that I do one at a time. Do you know what I mean? Right. That, like, I accumulate five things or something. Like, maybe my goal should be even shorter, which is, like, I just want to make uh, one thing. Well, here's what I think would actually be really interesting. Yeah. Now we're just talking about industry stuff in a way that we would talk about not on a podcast. Yeah. So a thing that's happening right now that a lot of people are really open to is one-off quote-unquote comedy specials, mm-hmm. but that are basically just like one-shot this comedian's voice. Yeah. I do feel like if you... That's what Talking to the Do would be. But I'm saying if you put together like a, a couple live show bits that were in the, the world of what you do mm-hmm. yeah and a couple things that show that you could and like sort of start having that oh Connor's like this yeah. like performer now in a way that's like mm-hmm. obviously you already are right but that is like oh this like oh Connor is the product right then I think you could probably get someone like I won't say names yeah. to fund a weird one-off thing. Yeah. And I think I would have the avenues to connect the dots on that. Whereas, like, if you had, like... Honestly, there's... Like, if you could think of, like, a five to ten minute little live bit that you could do at the places, like, that we've been talking about privately. Yeah. I honestly would like to do... Even if, even if it just meant a... a 
redo of the exact one we did with other elements in it. Yeah. The Talk to Do episode, some version of that would be something that I would want to shoot, which would be like uh, its own thing. Well, like know? what I'm saying is the more you can make yourself the brand. Yeah. Like, I almost think there's a version of this. Truly, where if you put together like a one person show mm-hmm. that is like pieces of all of this sort of woven together right but showing like the breadth of what you do and that like can be broken up into like not that you would do this but like that you could go to JFL and do 10 minutes that mm-hmm. is like your weird whatever that is yeah that could be a thing that could be yeah which I truly think is just like for you would be about like picking and choosing the weird scenes and just having them mesh together in this like yeah collage of your brain um, you should consider that. Yeah. I would do whatever it takes to help make that happen. Because I do think, I think you as that brand is more sellable than the idea. Right. Which is, I think, the key to so many of these weird things is that you can, like Julio is a great example. Right. If you are like, not that this is a narrative thing quite like what you're doing, but like yeah. his special my favorite things Mm -hmm. is like his but because it's Julio first and then that but if someone was like oh I want to do a special and the whole premise is that it's these objects people would be like wait what but then when it's like no 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 it's this is my whole character people would get on board um Did you have that pitch of that without getting without naming names? That thing that you were talking about that was like the interactive. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you about that later. Off mic. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any other things specifically. Um. Um, I it's also interesting how there's so much right now it feels like I'm already far behind on everything right cinema, what do you mean cinema books TV music watching watching just experiencing so there's such a backlog it feels like Five, ten years ago, I had, like, a big pile of books. I'm like, I gotta get around to reading those. And some of those books are still in the pile. And now it's like, ugh. Like, uh, there's whole TV shows that are, have finished their run, and I'm like... Right. I gotta go back and catch up, and, and it's... Some of them I'm just... Like, I don't think I'm ever gonna watch Game of Thrones. Unless there's, like, a, oh, oh, a month where I'm like, oh, I could really use some gruesome fantasy. Well, also, it's like... Game of Thrones is one of those things that's also a little bit like lost in the sense of like it's not that people haven't discovered it since but part of it was like riding along while yeah. it happened um, I do think the, in particular the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones were some of the best book to screen adaptation of material that I've ever seen where they really 
changed things in a way where you were like getting scenes of characters right. that couldn't have existed in the books the same way. But it really was like, oh, this works on TV in a way that it wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it also feels like uh, my idea of having a TV show stems from an era where that doesn't exist anymore. Right. That it actually feels more likely that I could get a TV show now than if I was the same person back in 1985. Yes. But it also feels like I know lots of people who've had TV shows who now it, it is as if they never had a TV show, which wasn't the case if you had a TV show in 1985 or something. It, like, it's it's you can have a show and almost no one can be aware of it. Well, so I'm in the Writers Guild and I'm like an organizing captain for the Writers Guild and part of like some of the showrunners meetings. And so part of it is we organize and talk about the things that are important to the union. Yeah. And one of the things that's so interesting is, yeah, oh, I'm, we're in that, like, uh, whatever you call it, the, the tired lull right now. Yeah. As we approach the halfway mark and we're still not quite to it. Oh, no. It feels like we're farther along than that. Oh, it really does, because we've been walking and it's cold and everything. Yeah. So we started at 11. We started at 11, and it's now... Almost five, so we're almost to the halfway. Yeah. But the second half always goes quick. Yeah, it always flies by. I think we also, the more we interact with other people, the better. Yeah. That's why I've started texting people being like... Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, the union. Oh. And, like, having a career right now is really difficult because... Your career can end and then it's over. Well, it used to be that if you worked on a show, the show would go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. You'd be working, you'd make money, and then the show would have repeats, and you'd get residuals on that, and you could sort of like, you mm-hmm. know, not have to work on a hundred things. Whereas now, seasons of shows are like six episodes long. Because of all the stuff with streaming, the residuals are totally different and totally non existent. Yeah. And so people are having to work and try to get more jobs and there's not that many jobs out there and so when you have a job it's not like oh good I have a job I'll be good for this year then it's like I have to keep scrambling yeah everyone's gotta keep gigging yeah so it's like it's hard it's weird it ain't perfect oh man oof there's that wall. Um, just dead air. Yeah. Just dead air. That's a part of life. We could, yeah. A part of going to the movies, we could also just sit. And, and take recover. a nap while they while they listen to a, a movie. <laughs> what's a movie that's out right now? Uh, the holiday or whatever. Ooh. Um. I. 
feel like. This is the part of the podcast where you and I just start sentences and mm-hmm. hope that we'll figure out the end of it. Yeah, I feel like... What do you feel like? I feel like weirdly, despite everything you've said, I feel like five, getting five to ten half hours of the kind of thing that I want made, which requires really like five to ten days, it's really almost, almost at the level of like what some UCB comedy things did for web series things. Like the set that they built for when I had that bottle show. Yeah. I don't know how expensive that was, but it looked good. And right. uh, and they made it in like a night. Right. And I don't even need it to look that good. Uh, I just need it to look better than what the CGP thing looks. See, I think my point is, mm-hmm. and I've had to learn this myself. Yeah. A thing that is not enticing to people that are spending money on shows mm-hmm. uh, is hearing how inexpensive it will be to make. They don't like it. doesn't matter. Yeah. Because they're in the business of spending money on this stuff anyways. Right. So they don't want to hear, oh, I can shoot it in five days. The set can be simple. They just want to get on board with, the next oh, this thing. idea is a great idea. Gotcha. And, and I think... make it happen. Right. And then it's a bonus if you go, oh, and actually it's not going to be that hard to make also. Right. So that's why I feel like your ideas are all amazing ideas. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that should be the focus is yeah. like... Well, that's, I'm not going to lead with the budget. It's the, the quality of, look at this demo that I made and I want to make something that's this good. That is like, honestly, one of the clips that I would show to people, I still think, you know... That, as, as many good things as happened during the full season of the President Show. Yeah. Hong Kong Goes the Truck remains the high point of that show because it captured something that you don't get to see on most TV shows. Right. Which is that electric moment of uh, Anthony Tamanek's brain coming yeah. up with that and the camera capturing it just right. I wonder and, if Anthony's in New York. Yeah, let's get him. He... I called him three times the other day because I haven't talked to him in a long time. Let's go to his house. Cause he'd Are fill you up, calling him? Yeah, I'm calling him right now. Yeah, he'd fill up six hours. He'd fill up six hours. <laughs> he didn't answer. I didn't leave a message, but he didn't return any calls. And I haven't talked to him in a long enough time that I think three calls in one day, he should have texted me. You know what I mean? It's one of yeah. those things where if you haven't heard from me in a long time and then all of a sudden I call you three times in one day. Yeah. At that point, you assume I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. What's he doing? Where's he at? He might be touring with a t- right. with a domain or something. Does he have a voice mail that says? You texting him now? I'm gonna text him something. Are you in NYC? Um, he'd be a perfect person. Yes, he'd wake us up. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't seen him for a while, so it'd be nice Neither to see him. Neither have I. Um, but you know what I mean. 
There's, okay. a, there's a thing that, uh, like, as great a use as I think like Silicon Valley makes of Zach Woods. Yeah. There is still a thing that sometimes that I think hasn't been captured, uh, which is that moment that when you see him improvising and he's yeah. thinking of the thing. What they're getting a lot of is like they know how to write to his voice. Yeah. Uh, and there are times when I feel like they're getting things that they either have absorbed his way of communicating right. and to write to it or some, or he's like improvising to take or something. But I still feel like there is there are performers out there that do a thing that I want to get it in front of a camera. And like the part where like Alex Dixon started doing those monologues and talking it'll do. Right. I feel like she's an example of an actor who has yet to click with the right people in terms of who hires actors for shows. Right. And anybody who sees her up on stage at UCB sees like, oh, this is one of the best performers at UCB. Right. But show business has not figured that out yet. That that, that basically you have this person who is like uh, a a like Lori Metcalf figure. Right. Who is capable of doing these things that like there were people who watched that who were like oh my god I couldn't believe that I was like getting moved to tears watching this thing about a talking rooster right and literally the only thing that I gave to Alex was there was a designation that I will leave you will come on and deliver this letter to me I will leave and then I want you to deliver a monologue to camera about how you feel and uh should I answer this thing? Is yeah. this scam likely? I've never answered one that's this scam likely. Hello? Who is it? Hello? Hold on. You're on, a, you're, you're on 12 hour day with uh, JD and Connor. It's a podcast. Are you there? Hello? No, no, this is Connor on 12-Hour Day with J.D. and Connor. It's a podcast. Every episode is at least 12 hours long. Uh, and frequently, uh, we tend to go over, so actually there are a lot of episodes that are 13 hours long. Are you there? Uh, so I'm here in New York City with J.D. Amato. Uh, who am I asking is calling? Hello? They hang up on you. Did they hang up? Oh, <laughs> that's that's actually that's actually a great a way of great idea. With. Oh my God! What if he started just just to show where I answer every scam phone call? Yeah. by telling them what they're on. Yes. Um, it's pretty fun. I hope that was. Uh, I hope you could hear that. Um. But what was I saying? Oh, um, but I really, it's not that I think it'll be easy to get these five to ten half hours. And it may involve tricking people. It may involve having to do a song and dance Here's, for people. But in my mind, this is the thing that I think has gotten easier. Dresswell might join us. That's great. Um, She's on the fence, though. Tell her, get off the fence. Uh, where's uh, Chris Scott? Is he around? Yeah, maybe. I think let's talk to both of them. Well, she's got to go coach. Where, where at? Tell her we're at Lincoln Center.
um, the thing that changed in my mind, it's not that I think it'll necessarily get that much easier. Um, then it's that for me, like it was, it was like it took such a long time to get uh, Gethard Show. Like that was such a long journey yeah. to get like the little run that it had. Yeah. And in some ways, I feel like every there are things that feel like you know, you work for a long time to get up to a certain thing and then it's like, uh, it's, like you think about the things that you think about that were disappointments in the 80s or something. Yeah. Maybe like Dark Crystal or Labyrinth or something like that. Sometimes those were designed to all be as big as, you know, Star Wars or The Muppet Show right. or, you know, the things that had been big successes. And instead they were these things that came out of the world and some people liked them, but not enough for them to be regarded right. as like, even though they probably all made money in the long run, it, She's going to text us. She'll probably be around like 10 p.m. or so. Where at? UCB. I think she's coaching until like 9.30. It feels like we'll be headed back to your place around that time. Well, that's what I said is maybe we travel oh, back. Oh, maybe we travel her, back. She lives that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. By. Makes sense. Um, um, I got a text back uh, from a Tamanek. What did he say? A lot of stuff, but let me see. What of it is related to? It's in a marathon work session. A marathon work session? Um, plus dog sitting and things like that. He says, I'm working right now, but I can call you back later tonight. Is everything okay? It's the, it's the part of my mind that has let go of the idea that, uh, and this is definitely something I would never bring up to a business person unless I was doing it to neg them into making it. Yeah. Because I do think that's the other thing that works in show business. Right. Is telling people that you don't care if they uh, give you the money. Right. Because I'll find someone else to do it and they'll make the money instead of you. Uh, I honestly think that's the way that people are. <laughs> I think it's I, true. Honestly, you know when I signed with my agents, you know what I told them in the meeting where I uh, they signed me. What? Uh, I told them that I hated having an agent when I was in London, and I used to. Uh, back then, I I was nervous because I didn't want to tell my agent that I didn't want to go up for things, so I would throw auditions, uh, and I got really good at doing auditions where um, I did a good enough audition that the casting director would think I was a good actor, but a wrong enough audition that I wouldn't be right for the part that they were casting. Uh, Jess Vitkiss might come. That's great. And um, and then I told them about getting fired by Tom Hanks. And right. then I told, I was, all I told them was things that were like bad things about me. And then I also told them that I've avoided having an agent for a long time and the next day they were like, we want to sign you. And I was like, I didn't sell myself at all. I told them that I was like a bad client who hated having an agent and didn't care about it. And it was just like... There was a job that I got that you know about. Yeah. Um, 
I won't say any more than that, but uh, it, I got it. I think because I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't think this is a good idea. And they're like, you're perfect for the job. I don't remember whether I told you the Curtis Gwynn Narcos story before that he told when he was on George Lucas' talk show, I think. Are you allowed to say it on a podcast? I think he told it in a public way. But, uh, at a live show versus yeah, on different. a podcast. Yeah. yeah, It was really funny, though. It just had to do with a thing where it was like, I don't think I'm right for this. And then the offer kept getting better. Right. And it's just one of those things where it's like when you're when you're fighting for a thing that you really want, then it's like, oh, you're not right for it. But the second you're like, I don't know if I'm right for it, people are like, aren't you? Um, I think you should put together, ideally it would be under five minutes, but for you it'll probably be under ten minutes. A sizzle reel, but it doesn't have to be sizzling and moving quick, mm -hmm. of the things that you have done that most fit this style. Yeah. And then paired with an idea that is clear and your voice, mm -hmm. I think that could be taken out to people. Yeah. Because um. if you give someone all of Talk and Doodle Do, they're not going to watch it yeah. or really get it. Yeah. But if you give them those moments that really pin it yeah, down. Yeah, I, I would cut it down because most of what I like about it is in the second half, even though I. Exactly. Even though I like the first half, I can imagine if I gave people the whole thing there'd be people who'd be like, I didn't make it past the talk show part. It seemed fun. Like, here's an example is, uh, I recently, I was recently in a situation where I was talking about the Terry Withers mysteries. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was with people who I think were sort of negative Nancy's a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was describing what the show would be of that. Right. And I made the mistake of having mentioned that it used to be a semi-improvised show at UCB. Right. And they could not stop thinking about the improv aspect. And being like, right. we don't know if improv works. Ugh. And I was like... Of course you don't. But I was also like... It wouldn't be. It's not what this is. Yes. But that, they were so fixated on that. And it's sort of like the talking people do thing where it's like, you know, if you showed them, like, they would look at the first half and be like... We don't want a talk show. Yeah, and they'd be like, no, 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 you're not... You don't understand. The second half, and they're like, yeah, but the whole first... Yeah. There's like that moment on the Larry Sanders show where uh, Hank wants to do an alt of a line where uh, he, he's like, I think it's like shaving cream or something, and he tastes it and goes, hmm, tastes a little like chicken. Right. And he wants to say, it tastes a little like coconut. Right. And... Larry's like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And Phil, the writer, is like, just let him do it. We just got to film it. He wants to do yeah. it. And, like, Larry won't let him do it. He, he can't, like, let him do it. Yeah. Even though they just want to be like, can we just get past this? But there is that thing that people can't get past certain things. Yeah. That, uh, like, if, like, I don't want the show to be, uh, I want every episode of it to be a different thing. Right. Because I have different things in my mind that I want this episode to be this, I want this episode. I just want to make these like five to ten short things. You have to figure out a way to construct that though, so that yeah, it falls under the same. Yeah, it'd be like Twilight Zone or Alfred Hitchcock Presents, or it's or like Black Mirror. It's, it's like one of those things where uh, the frame. It's easy to come up with like a frame for it, right? 
because um, it's more about like I want to get the people that I know would be like yeah uh, and half of those people honestly if I could get it to the point where I had that day half of the people who I would be getting for it would be people that would be like oh you're getting this person like there'd be the people yeah. that, that would be like yeah because they never get to do this type of thing and it's a day of their life yeah um, but the And this is not something, to go back, this is the only, the only way I would mention this is if I was trying to neg somebody into funding it, which is the idea of the TV show Police Squad, uh, which is one of maybe one of the most unsuccessful TV yeah. shows of all time. But then they made three Naked Gun movies off of it that were among the most successful movie comedies of all time. And I don't, ha- I don't need to make uh, Naked Gun. I just need to make Police Squad. Uh, that's my goal, is uh, to have those six episodes of Police Squad. I think it's six. Maybe it's four. I think it's six. Uh, that's all I need. Right. But that's I just got to figure no out a way. One... I just got to figure out a way to scam people. Truly, into... that's what it is. Yeah. It's... Uh, and I, what... I always say it's about tricking people into giving you money to make stuff that you want. Yeah, and uh, and I think I can do it. I think if I give myself a few years, and that's my goal, is to get these things made by hook or by crook. Uh, part of part of what is putting my mind at ease is that it's I'm not trying to break into Fort Knox. Right. I'm trying to hold up a liquor store. Right. But a thing that I think is so interesting. Yeah is that sometimes it's easier to rob Fort Knox. Yeah. Maybe. But it's... Uh, because sometimes... Here's, here's, yeah. here's a way to do it. At a liquor store, the guy that owns the liquor store is so concerned over every square inch of his store Mm -hmm. and making it exactly perfect to his liquor store. And every dollar that he loses is a big deal. Fort Knox, there's some parts of Fort Knox that you don't even have to rob. They'll let you in. I want to rob the gift shop at Fort Knox. Right. My point is like, sometimes it's easier to be let into Fort Knox. Sometimes. Uh... But, and sometimes Fort Knox has so much gold to look after that they're less concerned about what you're doing with the small amount of gold in the corner. Maybe. Whereas the liquor store is very concerned about where you're, where the the um, face of the bottle is facing on their display case. Yeah, maybe, but. For me, the main pressure valve that's gone off is a lot of times the idea is that, uh, well, the reason you don't, do, you don't rob a bunch of small places is because you'll have to keep doing it and you'll get caught eventually. Right. But if you only have to do one and then you're, you're not, if you only have to pull off one thing and it doesn't have to be huge and then you're content with it, truly content with it. Partly because, and this is key to it, I would like the the satisfaction creatively of making something good at a certain level 
putting it out there into the world and having it be appreciated in some modest way. Yeah. Knowing that it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> I like how we're saying this all on a public podcast. Yeah. It doesn't really matter beyond like lifestyle things in terms of how much how you're living how much money you have that sort of thing there isn't a big difference between uh, success at a certain level and success at a, another level in terms of it all fades away anyway that uh, the like even like now there's the only way to watch Police Squad is either you have the discs or you can go to the YouTube channel where there, there is a YouTube channel where someone uploaded all six episodes right. They're just sitting there. There's no legal way to stream it. Um, and in some ways, that's a kind of, like, sad ending for, like, a great, like, yeah. thing. But also, I feel like everybody who ever needed to see that has seen it. A few more people will discover it. Right. But also, it's, like, it's not important that people see that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. there's... Everybody who was going to learn anything pretty much from it comedically already did. What do you think the most important thing you've made is? Nothing. Uh, uh, nothing. Um, this podcast is probably as important as anything that I've made creatively in terms of like people listening to it and appreciating it. Uh, what do you think is going to have the most lasting of the things you've already done? Uh... things that I've originated where it's like my idea to do it. Uh, or that you've been like one of the primary creative forces on. I think it's all as ephemeral as any stepfather show. I don't think that um, I don't think that any of it uh, it's all already mostly memories for people. For very few people. Mm, I think I'm the important going. thing was that I did it for me and for right. few people to do it. But I also don't think uh, People are already forgetting major artists' work. Truly. And part of it is that letting go of that part mattering so much. Was it you that was talking about the Johnny Carson thing? Probably. Where it's like, right he now, was, if you asked, like, put out a survey of, like, who's Johnny Carson? Yeah. Probably a lot of people. Yeah. Especially of a certain age would be like... If you did a jaywalking segment now asking who's Jay Leno, you get a lot of people who are like, I don't know. Right. And it, it's like... It doesn't, and you couldn't have made... It's not that these people aren't big or important or famous. There's a lot of people around still like them, right. but, uh, you know, it's... It's all... So much of it is about the experience of doing it and the experience of witnessing it, and then you move on to another thing. And I have so many things that I value that I've experienced. But even some of those, it's like, it's like, what do I do with, um, uh, it's like, um, What do I get out of, like, like I've got a bunch of DVDs on a shelf that are all, like, Woody Allen movies that I've seen right. many times over. And I might revisit a few of them 
but the meaning of a lot of them changes based on all different kinds of things in terms of like things we learn about him, things that we feel about who he is as a person, uh, the low quality of, you know, he's like an artist who has a career and then a, sh a mirror of that career that he's now made as many bad movies as he ever made good movies. Right. And there's a part of it that's like, you know, there, there's that reckoning of like, well, how do we process an artist that is no longer uh, reputable, that people are like disavowing this person as a human being or as, you know, right. like, you, can't, you, you, uh, you know, if I were, if I were to tweet out a sentence that was like, you know what's a great movie? Broadway Danny Rose. The responses to it would be horrible. People would be like, why are you supporting this monster? Right. And so there's a part of you that processes that and says, like, uh, what do I, how am I supposed to think about that? It's confusing. But I already got what I was going to get out of those things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, like, as sad as it is to process, like, to take, a, to take the opposite of that, like a person who's only grown in people's estimation, Jim Henson. Yeah. I spent, I feel like I spent a long time bemoaning the fact that we would never get more like pure Jim Henson Muppets things. That all the things that are going to be made by him were made and they're done. Right. And I spent a long time processing like, that's so sad that we didn't get another 10 years of yeah. him being Kermit the Frog or Ernie or whoever, you know. But now I'm, I've reached a point where I'm like valuing more the fact that we got as much as we did and there's a lot. There's still stuff I haven't processed. There's still stuff I haven't seen probably. Yeah. Uh, and that you have to like, it's okay that there's only so much of anything and you can only experience so much and time runs out and it's, you know, it's just like... Yeah, something that I think is funny that I think about sometimes is a lot of these people that died, quote-unquote, before their time. Yeah. Like, what if they didn't? Like, what would, be, what would like an old Kurt Cobain be like right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Would he have made a Christmas album by now? Right, or what do you become like a Republican? Or yeah, like, would he be like? Well, like you look at someone like uh, John Lydon from the Sex Pistols or something. That yeah. it's hard, it's weird to process them as an older man because you'll see like them on a magazine cover for an interview or something, and they'll they'll still have like his hair dyed. And you'll be like, that feels like something that right. made more sense when you were a young guy. Or like Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, yeah. you're like an old man now. Yeah. Um, or it was weird when I saw the one time that I saw Bono in person when I was uh, when they did the private yeah. event at Barnes and Noble, and he was way shorter than me, and I was like, and he looked like one of my uncles. He looked like an, a guy in his fifties. Right. And I'm like, oh, of course he is. But when they film him, he looks like, uh, yeah, Kirk. That's what Kirk Cobain would be. Kirk Cobain would be like, right. You know. Uh, or like, how old would James Dean be right now? Yeah dead probably and that's the other thing I think about too is sometimes those people where I'm like they'd be dead anyway it? yeah who was I thinking of that about oh Princess Diana yeah someone was like um, like Princess how old would Princess Diana be right now yeah and like that's so weird to think about yeah 
Let's see. These people who are like enshrined in our heads. She's 61, so she'd be almost 60. Yeah, it's it's a very like um, but the main point is it's not that nothing matters. It's not a nihilistic thing. It 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 more has to do with the fact that it's like Like, I think, for example, when I think of something creative that I did that I was very satisfied with, like when I was doing, like, the lone cornmeal machine shorts. Right. And I was very happy with that process where we would make a short film every week. And I was always thinking of that in terms of, like, it would be great to make more of these or to have a budget or to, like, we had tried to create, like, a kid's show that had a design element like that with the idea that we could make more things in that mode. And it just never came together. And there's a part of me that was like, uh, and I still think those are like, have like shockingly low view counts. Right. I think those are still all at like 400 views. They're all like, even things that were like full animation. Well, because the people that would see it already saw it in the episode. Yeah. So wouldn't seek out those individual. Like the one that had the least craft to it, which was the one that were... we just hung a piece of meat on things. Oh, yeah. That has, like, 20,000 views. But the ones that were, like, full animation have, like, 600 views. And... There's so many weird stuff with that, from that show that, like, has a weird a lot, of, a lot of views or no views. Yeah. But I also think, even though I did enjoy the process of making those at the time, I don't think I've ever benefited from having taking the long view in the sense of, like, well... Uh, I want to do this so that I can have a longer sustainable run of doing more of it. Right. That like uh, trying to trying to uh, think in terms of like well if I make a movie then people will see it and they'll let me make another movie as opposed to trying to make like Faulty Towers and then not really having a follow up to Faulty Towers just being like we did exactly what we wanted. Yeah. I hear you. I've found for myself, because what you're describing, I feel like has sort of been a lot of the projects that I've done, which are things that are like, how'd this get on TV? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's cool. Right. And I'm proud of them. And I do have that feeling where I'm like, yeah, if my career ended today, I'd be proud of the stuff that mm-hmm. I was able to get on TV. But it also is hard because I see how much easier it is if you have a hit or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And how much easier. I just don't, I don't think that's ever in the cards for me. I think it's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not talking about, I'm just saying for myself. Yeah. And I think that it's one of those things that is in the moment you're aware of it and 
feel grace and privilege for having those things where it's like, oh, I have this platform. And then when it's over, you're like, ooh, if that was just a little more popular, mm-hmm. this next thing would be... Cause, be easier to get made. Because the thing that's fun is if you do make the one thing and you do have a blast doing it, there's that pull to be like, why not try to do it again? If it doesn't work, fine. Yeah. But might as well ask. And then you're like, ooh, I can feel how close I am. Yeah. And you see how much easier it is if things are just... I think for me, I just want to get away. I just want to get away with it. I just want to get away with this one thing. But I'm saying I think once you get away with one thing, you'll be like... It used to be like that. I, I don't think get... I'm like that anymore. See, I, yeah. I think then I'd be happy to take whatever comes my way. Yeah, I've just, I feel like I've... I think that's the position that I'm in. And I'm not as happy taking things that come my way. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. No, it's not. It's not about being right or wrong. It's where you find yourself at. Because um, there are some people who would definitely be better off trying to think of the long view of like, I have an idea for a hit and it can go for years, and I want to sign a first look deal that's this much, and I want to develop these things. And I'm not like that. No. I'm truly whatever. Yeah. The next thing is. But for some people, they are like happier with that mode yeah. of operating. Like I've always thought that a Taminate can't meet us. Uh, uh, oh. I've always thought Did he that, respond with like a, no. He says, I can't today. And I'm like, well, that's how this works. Yeah. Um, he says he'll be freer in the next week. That's not how this podcast works. You get one shot. Yeah, great, then, we'll do another episode next week. Well, now here's an interesting thing. It's not. Um, I. Where should we go after this? What should we do? What's, what's on the agenda? Um, uh, hello. Um, Tom Levin mm-hmm. is in Astoria. Should we go visit his child? I've never seen his child. Oh, yeah. Does he want his child on the podcast? It doesn't Tom have Levin. to be on it. doesn't have to be on it. It's not like a photo podcast. Oh, Jess said she'll be out of work at 5.45 at the Ed Sullivan Theater. She what? can come up here and meet us if, if we want. All right. Can we go to the Ed Sullivan Theater? Yeah. You mean inside? Yeah. I wonder. You've never done the podcast from in there. Yeah. You going to float that? I will. Because I'll be done taping. But then? Yeah. I bet they have crazy security. I'll see. 
Doesn't hurt to ask. Um, yeah, text her. Oh. What's interesting because I feel like there are I have my podcast which is sort of a look back at a failure and kind of like an unpacking of a failure yeah. professional failure and then there are these filmmakers who've been making this documentary about the George Lucas talk show oh yeah I think I'm doing an interview in a month yeah and what do you want me to say Connor um I think just keep it focused because I think the uh, they've been filming the original pitch that they had for it was they wanted they came to us and they were like they wanted to film oh yeah you've t- yeah the show and they wanted to kind of do a their idea was like how about if we also do like a behind the scenes where you're like in character as George Lucas and you have a writer's room and you're like you work on this talk show and I didn't want to do that because it sounded like a lot of work yeah and in order to do that well, it would just be yeah. exhausting because it would be like, it'll, it'll look fake, it'll look weird. It, it just, yeah. like, there's no way to do that without expending a lot of effort on an idea that I don't think would really pay off that well because the comparison to something like that would be like the Larry Sanders show. Right. So it's got to be like great. Yeah. And I, what I offered them instead was they said they just wanted to film, an, they liked the show and they wanted to film an episode of it properly. And I said, how about this? Instead of, like, faking a behind-the-scenes thing, I give you access to, like, actually the way we do the yeah. show, uh, which is, like, um, it's a... And I said, and here's my pitch on the show, which is that, like, it is a show which has found its proper level in that it's not ever going to be anything bigger than it is, and it's not meant to be. It's not trying to be. Like, this isn't a... This isn't my shot at, like, I want to get development executives to come and let me do a George Lucas talk show as a podcast or as its own show. Like, that would be impossible. And it is a New York City comedy show with a very minuscule cult following. And and that's fine. And it's, like, happy at that level. And it's, like, it's not that I don't have ambitions to make a, a larger thing. But that's not what this is for, and it's yeah. not, you know. I think I think that's interesting. I was like trying to think of it from ter- in terms of like, what would I have liked to watch when I was like in high school or college? And I'd be like, I'd be curious about a show like that, like right. to see what it's like and what it entails. Yeah. Um, but in some ways, that's a current day project about fail a certain kind of failure, right? Uh, because it is like for most people that would be kind of a failure. It's like a thing that is on a road to nowhere. Uh, it's creatively successful, but it is also like, uh, for a lot of people, that that would be like, yeah, not a great thing. It's just inter- interesting that I've reached this point where I'm kind of documenting these like, yeah, things that nobody cares about except me, sort of, and trying to frame them in ways that might be like interesting 
to hear about. You know what's so interesting? What? Is when we first started this podcast, I feel like so much of our early conversation Sorry, Tom texted me. Great. So Tom's going to be available like after 8-ish, uh-huh. after he puts Henry to bed. Can we go to his house? No. No? No. Because he's, that's why I sort of floated that, and he was like, I'm I've sure ne- Henry would be a great guest, but I Tom, don't. Tom, I've never met his child. He's like, I don't want to risk the sleep deprivation. Yeah. But so that means we can hang out with Jess. Then go Here, back. Jess, there. So we go here, then go to Queens? Yeah, I think I texted Jess about Ed Sullivan. We'll see what she says. So she'll either meet us or we'll go there. Yeah. Spend time with her. Go back to Tom for Queens. And then... Will Tom come to us? Yeah, he'll come to my apartment or something. Great. Yeah. Because I still have to give you my... Yeah. Christmas gift. Right. From two years ago. I bought everything at once and I was like, oh, I'll just be able to see these out. So you bought several years of Christmas? Yeah. Um. Oh, but so what I was saying was, this podcast first started, I felt like so much of it was uh, each other sort of projecting onto the other one what we thought was going on in their life mm-hmm. and talking about each other and why we thought the other person was interesting what they're doing in our takes on that yeah and us also talking about what we thought our future was going to hold and I think maybe I'm talking mainly about myself too Mm -hmm. of what I was talking about right like oh what the future is whereas now number one I feel like I'm less concerned about not concerned but like I have less exuberation about the future and not in a negative way but truly just in a um finding joy in the present type way and just trying to find balance Mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting because we've reached a point in our careers where the future is not as uncertain we sort of know how it works a little bit more Mm -hmm. at least in terms of our career and we know the mechanisms at play and what we have to do to make one thing happen or another it's not the we're not in that excitement anymore where it's like I don't know, are you going to be on a weekend team? Would we be on a Herald team? You know, like that kind of right, stuff. Right, right. It's like, well, here's the pieces. And we don't know where they're going to lead, but we're like, here's what we know we could play if we wanted to. Right. And it's deciding what makes sense at what time and what feels good in the moment, if that makes any sense. I just feel like the, the, the temporality of our discussions has shifted. Yeah. Well, also, it's like... When we started doing it, it felt kind of crazy to think about um, what are we going to do this podcast for the rest of our lives? Yeah. Now that's mapped out a little bit more. That's not so long. Well, and it's sort of like, yeah, we probably will. And it's not that many episodes. Or we might do one episode every five years or something. You know what I mean? Like, Even if we do two every year. 
Okay, let's it's do the not math. That many let's do the let's left. do the scary math. I mean, I'm going to do the. Hold on. I don't normally do this. I, I did, I've done this once before, but like. Are you looking up? Uh, what average age? I'm just going to do one of those things where it tells me. What? You know those websites where like. Oh, it tells you when you're going to die. Yeah. I guess I'll do it too. Um. Are you at fatefulday.eu? <laughs> no, you're going for the European one? I guess so. Well, okay, so mine, I have to select my gender when I was born. Let's see who wins. <laughs> I think so. Wait, what? Okay, here's a question in my quiz. Yeah. How often do you ride a bike slash drive a car? Oh. Because people get hit by them. Yeah. They die doing it. I thought it was like, how fit are you? And I was like, what? Okay. How many years do you have left? Uh, let me see. What was yours? Fateful day. Dot. Dot EU. Let me see. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that it's fascinating how the um, those scrolls where you have to scroll your. Um, to your birth year yeah. and just the passage of time. I know. How many thumb right? scrolls you have I've to do is crazy. About that. Uh, this is so weird. My quiz has. Okay. What does it say you have left? Would you say I work mentally or physically? Physically, right? Yeah, you're doing that same one? Yeah. I already did another one. I'm just going to see if it's the same thing. Mine's. Younger than I thought. I don't like this one. Really? Um, Which one did you do? I did a different one, and now I'm doing Faithful Day. Give me your different one while you do Faithful Day. Uh, it was the Death Clock one. It's the Death Clock. When am I going to die? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Well, I, I, I live, I 
This gives me nine years earlier. I know, that one gives me... Okay, yeah. So the death clock thing gives you seconds, right? Yeah. Okay, so what was your death clock? My death clock was June 8th, 2048. <laughs> Mine? Really? Yeah. Mine was December 7th, 2085. I, my, my fateful day one was 2039, so I had 19 years left. Uh, according to Fateful Day. Mine gave me 43 years left. Yeah. So I either have 19 or 28. <laughs> That's not true. I guarantee you it's true. Connor, if you die at age 60... I'm telling you, I just need to get 5 to 10 episodes <laughs> of television made. That's you're what, easily you're achievable. You're 42 right now? 44. 44. So I have until uh, 2039 or 2048. Okay, okay, that's... You're not dying at age 62, Connor. It's plenty of time. Connor, you're just not. Now let's do the episode count. Okay. Let's... Easy. It's it's either 38 episodes left or... It's a lot. 60 episodes. That's too many. (laughs) How old do you think you're going to live to be? Based on your family and all that, you know. Well, I mean, what's weird is we're coming... If we're coming up on 2020 right now... Yeah. 2039 feels close. Yes. Because that's basically, like, the amount of time... If you go back to 9-11 to now, just go that forward. Yes. And that's all you have left. And it's going to go quicker. Because... I don't think you're going to die at 62. I really think I will. Um... <laughs> Really? I think it's between those two dates, definitely. How old do people in your family die? Uh, varies. Um, but like your grandparents? My parents are in their 70s. Right. Your grandparents made it to what? 70s, I think. My, my grandpa didn't, but uh, yeah. Different world. Right. I have a cell phone. It's all different. Um, is that increase or decrease? Decrease. Definitely decrease. Okay. There's no world in which a cell phone, uh, short of um, immediate life-saving things, which is like, quick, get a thing yeah. here. Uh, quick, look up how to do CBR. Those things are the ways the cell phone extends your life. But in casual use, it's taking decades off. Got it. There's beams going through my head every day. <laughs> Not even from my cell phone. It's just other people's right. cell phones. Everyone's calls going through your body a million times. Uh, I think my... My death date is between 2039 and 2048. So I, mo- I won't make it to mid-century. I don't think that's true. I think you're going to make it. We double... Look, Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. Two sources run the story. Okay. You want me to do your... No, no, I'm saying I already did it. I got two sources. Oh. And they gave me my window. And it's between 2039 and 2048. I will not make it to 2050. If I make it to 2049, then I beat okay, the clock. Okay, 2050, how old would you be? 2050. 2050, I was born in 75, so I'll be, I'll be 75. I think I would put over under of 75. I would, I would go over. You think I'm going to live to be 75? Yes. Born in 75, die at 75. You think that's a nice, clean life? No, I said over. 
But don't you think that's a nice, clean life? He was born in 75, and he died at 75. I think you're going to die at age 82. Ugh, it sounds like a nightmare. What am I going to do between 75 and 82 that's so great? Uh, your five episodes, you're finally going to get them. <laughs> They'll be so bad. If I do them between that, it'll be like... I'll be... My ideas will be old and out of date. You'll be doing green face. Because the aliens will have come. We'll have done comedy about them and then realized that was not okay. I think. So we're at episode 17 of 60? <laughs> oh, no. Is that right? Yeah. Or 17 of what's the other one? 17 of... 38. That's... No, that's 17 a, of 40... If, 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 if I have 19 years of episodes... Left. That means you have 38 left. That's a much more reasonable amount of episodes. 38 plus 17. So, so we have 38 more episodes? Right. So that's 17 of... Uh, 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 45? No, 55? No, 55. 17 to 55. So we're not even to the halfway point of this podcast. Yeah. I mean, if you... And if you think of how many hours that should is... We, should we start more. putting them out as episodes 17... 17 of 55? Uh, well, let's do 60. 17 of 60. Okay. <laughs> Should we start counting them down? Yeah. Well, I've told you the, the real thing, which is why I started going back to, like, home more often. Yeah. Was I started doing the math of my parents' age. Yeah. Being like, if I go back once a year, mm -hmm. then what? I'm going to see my parents... 20 more times or whatever. You know what I mean? Like stuff that I was like, oof. Crazy. Don't like that. And I, you, we've had this conversation, I think, maybe on the first episode even, or one of the episodes, but like, I've actually started, I get, um, I get anxious looking at my movies that I own mm -hmm. now. Because you made a comment once where you're like, how many more times in my life am I going to watch whatever name a movie from beginning to end even your most favorite movie is probably less times than you feel comfortable saying yeah like the movie Con Air I don't want to see that again I might see that one more time before I, I die I regret seeing it the first time you know what I'm saying yeah. like, isn't that weird to think about when I look at my um if I honestly started going around my apartment, if I honestly started going around my apartment and getting rid of things that I thought I was done with, I would have a lot less. I have a, a lot fewer things in my apartment. Yeah. Like. There's it, a moment where you, you if, get to the mirror and you're like, imagine, I don't need to be here. Imagine, because there's the spark joy thing. Yeah. But imagine if you had a machine that could predict which DVDs you would never watch again and they, you just looked at it and it was just like 90% of your things are just like you're never going to watch that again and well, if you do you'll watch it on streaming or you know like you're not going to use that disc or a thing that I've thought about that I mean we're just talking about mortality here mm -hmm. but like um, and this is how you measure it this is a, uh, an interesting way to measure it places in the world you'll never go that I'll never go they can be gone. That I could choose to go to right now if I wanted to, but that I'm just choosing not to go to. And I'm like, well, I regret <laughs> What if we that. just went to the airport right now and flew wherever we could go? <laughs> Should we do it? 
No. Okay, what if we, okay, here's an alternate version of that. Yeah. What if we just get on the train? Any message from Ed Sullivan Theater? No. Yeah, we're doing the show right now, right? Yeah, probably. Um, what if we just get on the train and take it? Wherever it takes us. Two hours and one <laughs> Get out. <laughs> turn around. Turn around. Come back. We should do an airport day. Oh, where we just go to the airport? Well, we just get a flight somewhere on that day. We decide where we're going to fly. Mm-hmm. And fly and then fly back? Yeah. I, have I told you about my... Um, I've wanted to do it, but it takes so much organizing that I'm just never going to. Yeah. So I don't think... But I think it'd be so funny to have, once a year, the New York-Los Angeles Summit in Kansas. Uh-huh. And it's like rent out like an entire weird little hotel and have like yeah. everyone that we know in the creative field like meet up yeah. to have like a coastal Dodgeball. like meeting and like put on shows and this and so it's like you know cross-cultural exchange that'd be fun but it's really just like a funny excuse to have us all fly halfway and like take over some small weird little hotel or take over some big like you, in Kansas I feel like you get a big space that's what I'm saying like, like I imagine like gym. a conference that yeah like a hotel that people would have like a conference in. It's like mostly empty. Like I remember when we did the Bonnaroo Gethard thing, we stayed in this hotel that had this giant open area. It's a great idea. That was probably bigger than this whole open area, this entire lobby. And it had fake animals in it. And I was like, what do they use this for? They probably have like a conference here like once a year for something. I just thought it'd be funny because it'd be like, get all of our friends, you know, put on a bunch of improv shows at night during the day have like funny like oh uh, a round table on what's better which yeah. place is better what place is better or like a round table on making TV shows a round table on is dating a, a round, round table, table where you get a local local pizza places in whatever town in Kansas we're in whatever the places that they get their pizza and we have New York and LA people order a bunch of pizzas and then talk about like if the pizza that we're getting is better or worse than New York or LA pizza. Right. And it has a way of fighting about LA having bad pizza, New York having the world's best pizza, but then like judging this Kansas pizza by the standards of the yeah. two ghosts. That's a really, that's a really, I feel like if there was, what's a good name for something like that to create like a, a thing that's like a festival. That it could be everything. It could be concerts, film screenings, hangout. It's just like a bunch of different games and events and stuff like that, but it's also a thing that like people could come to the shows, people could, you know, like where it's like um, the two coasts meeting in Kansas. Yeah. And it's called like Middle Fest. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's something, and then, like, if you live in Kansas, you're like, all oh, these, like... Yeah, you're like, oh, my God, these guys from, like, people. Silicon Valley are here, and these people from SNL, and they're doing, like, weird improv shows at Middle Fest. Yeah. Or Center Fest, or... I think that's a really fun idea to try to... Yes, I think it would be really fun. Sorry, I have a text I've responded to. 
I should organize this. You need to watch The Mandalorian soon because uh, Disney just officially uh, lifted its embargo on a thing that people aren't, that the media is not allowed to talk about. Yeah. Um, um, I tried getting us onto the Joko cruise. Really? How? Just they have a way of submitting. How oh, funny. Uh, and I, I gave a pitch that was sort of like, maybe it was too all over the place, but I was like, here's the various things I'm involved in. I think any of these would be fun on the cruise. Right. Because I was kind of pitching George Lucas talk show and also like, right. I can put together like a small crew of people that would be like fun on that cruise. Lebanon, Kansas is the exact middle. Well, so I actually already figured out the exact middle. You did? So years ago... Gethard and Will Hines had a bit. Not a bit. What? Nothing. Um, okay, so Will and Gethard had a bit where they were saying they're going to do two prob together, uh -huh. and that they would fly to a neutral place that was halfway between both. And then this was back when Facebook was a thing, and I think Will tagged me and was like, I'm, "I nominate JD Amato to be the official committee that acts as a neutral third party that organizes this." Right. And so I found the exact small town that for both drive to the airport right. and flight time would be exactly equal for both of them. Right. Um, and it was funny because it's like there's this house that has this like property and I'm like, it would be that farm property. I really like this idea a lot because I like the idea of... of like flyover fest or like something where it's like both coasts coming to this spot and having this crazy thing that also is like a social thing for the people right. on the coast who don't get to see each other. Right. So it's mingling and also like, like a comedy convention sort of music and comedy and exactly weird things. It's a really fun idea. Um, sorry, David Sims is texting. You know what? I also like is um, printing out my postage at home. Wait, why do you? What? Are you getting stamps.com advertising money and not telling me? JD, no. I just like using stamps.com. I'm like an allergic reaction to something. I just always like the idea of us putting a commercial that. Deep Wait, was into that a bit podcast. that you're doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it always feels good 
it always feels good to reach like the six and a half hour mark. Yeah. And then try to try to. Well, we've uh, laughed about how if we had a. We'd be open to a sponsor if we believed in it. It was something we believed in. Like, honestly, if... Let's name some things that we really like that we would be excited. Like, if Criterion Channel wanted us to... Wanted to be the sponsor of this podcast. Right. I would happily talk for an hour. Right, that's what we were saying. About it. And it wouldn't be... It wouldn't feel like sponsored, even if we were upfront about the fact that it's like they sponsor us, it would be... I would also... Just said we... We don't Just said we could... But except they're taping a show now, so next time. She's next heading time, out now. Next time on Twelve, 12 Hour, Hour Day. Day, episode eighteen of, of 65. 60. 60. sixty. Where do we want to meet Jess? Should she here, come here? I mean, if she comes here. That's less walking for us. That's right. a nice atmosphere. Does she mind coming here? We can also meet her wherever it's convenient for her. Yeah. Oh, they're closing here. Oh, great. That, that we have our answer. That is our answer. Um, What do you think about? Um, what were we saying before that? Mm. Oh, the middle middle fast, or flyover fast? Flyover fast, yeah. Oh, and Griffin and David seem open to the uh, screening thing. Oh yeah, yeah. David says they have a good relationship with the Alamo. Oh yeah. Let's think about it. I think that could be fun. I think so too. Um, there's a bathroom he's here. Where are we going to meet? Uh, I said what we'd walk down towards her. Gotcha. So I imagine we can start walking and figure it out. Yeah. Doodle-dee-dee-dee-dee-doodle-dee-doo. dee To go. Here's the time where I check and make sure that our mics have been on this whole time. Whole time. Yes. Whole time. The mics are active. Active mics. So you leave, I'll talk? Uh, yeah, sure. Or if you want. Or you leave, you talk. I was going to say we could walk and wander and see where the bathroom is. Okay. So I imagine it'll be a bit of an adventure. Um, 
you want to do that or do you want me to go? No, let's walk and wander. Great. Um, oh. That was a nice little... This is a little paradise we discovered at Lincoln yeah. Center. It's one of the calmest places we found. And it didn't feel like we were disruptive? No. And um, I think I've gotten through my... Uh, Tired pace? Yeah. She's going to meet us at Columbus Circle. Great. Um, there, this way. This way? Follow me if you want to live. Follow me if you want to. This is where we should have... That's exactly where we should have come. Oh, my God. I, my biggest regret is that we didn't... You want to take Boko of that? Yeah. My biggest regret is that we didn't record in this weirdly dark room. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Additional restrooms located one level down next to Metropolitan Opera entrance. What's that? Hey, let's take advantage of this drinking fountain. All right. It's by Elizabeth Murray. Hold on. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Here, come with me before the building. Come with me if you want to live. What's happening? I'm following behind JD, he's walking way ahead of me. I don't want to get... You don't want to, you want to make sure we can... Yeah. You're worried. I am. If the building's going to close, we'll be trapped. Oh, to get back to the Shaggy DA, this movie... Is that... The, is that what? Is that one? This movie was so insane. Truly, is it, so... Is, tr this, is this four hours later? Yeah. Here. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Um, this movie was truly so insane. And you're so deep into the movie before Dean Jones basically confesses to his wife that a long time ago... Oh, sorry. A long time ago, he found a ring and he turned into a dog. Right. And then it starts happening because other people have the ring and whenever anybody reads the ring inscription, this guy just turns into a dog. Public restroom this way. That way. Um, and one thing that's crazy about this movie is that as you're watching it, like, so much of it makes no sense. Right. But it's all mostly older men. So to a kid, like this is a movie for kids. Right. But there are very few, there's like one little kid in it, but he's not really your point of view character for the movie. There's not enough of him in it, you know? Right. And there comes a point where 
there's like a criminal. Like it starts off where they, they their house gets robbed. They come home and their house has been burgled. And at the end of the and then there's this criminal. This so strange. There's this criminal who is like. Um, I'm gonna wait out here. Okay. Because uh, I don't need the bathroom right now. Okay, here I'll give this to you then. All right, so I'll keep describing the plot. Yes. No, because I want you to hear it. Uh, I so I'll just wait here. Um. So right now, we're in the bowels of Lincoln Center. It's basically, it's very like all the president's men parking garage at night kind of vibe under here. And I'm gonna film a little bit of video of it. Um, it's very like, it's a very weird mood down here. And it's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit creepy. And JD has gone into the bathroom and I realize I've used the bathrooms here once before, and I didn't like it. It was very like, it was very, not a great, not a great vibe. It, I remember using the bathrooms here and it feeling like you're below Lincoln Center, which is all this kind of like opera and paintings and music and it's just, it's something about down here feels like you're not supposed to be I'm here. What's I, that? I was saying that there's a weird vibe. I've been here before and I think I've used that bathroom or one of these bathrooms that's down here before. I remember it felt a little bit like, the vibe is a little bit like, you're not supposed to be here. Like, nobody's really supposed to be down here. Yeah, it's strange because it's uh, one of these outdoor indoor spaces where it's cold like it's outside, but it's inside. And it's empty. It's always kind of empty like this when I've been down here. You can't. You have no sense of what time of day it is. It always just feels like night down here. Right. And I don't know where we are right now. Truly, I don't either. I don't know how we get out of here. I see, I see traffic down there, but like, it feels like a bad time down here, you know? Yeah. It feels like something that would be in like a Jean-Jacques Beignet, like 1980s, uh, like romantic nouveau thriller. Like, couldn't you see like a motorcycle chase mm -hmm. through this? Well, see, also there's a thing, and I've had this observation recently where like the yellow lighting that was back there, like right now we're in what's, this lighting is mostly white, but it's a little bit yellowed. This is very yellow. Not as yellow as it was back there. Well, yeah. Um, in England, like there was like orange. This is like yellow. In England, all the street lights, like in Liverpool, are all kind of an orangish yellow, and it makes everything feel sinister at night. Yeah. Compared to like a bright white light, which can feel sinister. But there was like, some study about how uh, when you change the color temperature of lights to be closer to daylight, which is like a bluer color. Uh huh. Uh, crime goes down. I, it makes sense to me. But I also wonder if it just also has to do with 
brighter? It's brighter and also the places where they are spending money to put blue lights in yeah, are, are places where they are yeah. spending money to also do other things. Do other things. Um, so anyway, what I was saying about the Shaggy DA is... I have um, no idea where we are. Me neither. This way, then. What? This way. You think? That's 62, that's 64. We're going we down. Should go down. We should go down. Um, so anyway. Saying timber. So in the, shaggy, in the Shaggy DA, it's, there's this criminal who's in the back, who's, who's like uh, in the back pocket of the district attorney. Okay. And he's like a, seems like a mob guy. He seems like he's like a, like a bad, like a crime boss or something. He has right. like thugs who are like working for him. And he, at the end it's revealed that he has this big warehouse. And when they discover the warehouse and it's where his office is, it's filled with all the things from all the houses that were robbed. Right. And it's such a childish notion of what a crime boss would do. Oh, there's the circus. What? There's what? The circus. Yeah. Because um, why would a crime boss just keep all the things that they stole? Well, first of all, it's just like he's going to steal all this stuff in our guess. house. Yeah. He's going to come to our house and take all our stuff. But also that, like, the whole point of organized crime is make it look like you're doing something else. Right. Not that your office would be in the building with all, like, the TVs and right. couches that you stole. Right, and it's not like people... Rarely is it like someone stole your TV and they're like, now, yes, we have, now I have something to watch TV on. Well, it's all just there as if it's merchandise that he's going to sell, but it's their way of showing it feels so, like... Right. They didn't, like, put this onto a truck to immediately unload it somewhere. It's right. just, like, in a warehouse. And it really is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, especially because... It's a sequel decades later. The first movie being black and white and having one look and style. Yeah. And by the 70s, there's kind of that 70s Disney feature film that doesn't really look theatrical. It looks like it's closer to television than movies of the time. Like, it feels like you're seeing everything and it's kind of being done on, like, a backlot set. Right. And it all looks a little cheap. And... I, I wonder if they're, like, if you were to watch those two movies, I was trying to think of an example of a sequel to a film that is as wildly disparate in mood and style, and because decades passed. It was from 1959 to 1976. Well, that's actually when you brought this up hours ago. Yeah. Hey, look, you know what you should do on those steps? Ooh, Joker steps? <laughs> I, that's actually a really funny... You know, like, um, like I certainly did this when I first came to New York, is that, like, I'd pass, like, a firehouse and be like, is that the Ghostbusters one? Right. And I'd be like, oh, no, it's not. Right. <laughs> I love the idea of people walking by steps and be like, are those the, are Joker, those the show? Joker steps? I like the idea, though, here's the thing, that anything can be the Joker steps. Right, exactly. All you need is a few steps. Look, look, look. I'm on the Joker steps. <laughs> um... 
so that's the question I was going to ask was what movie between the original and the sequel do you think there is the greatest dissonance the greatest change in tone style and audience I mean that that's a big one like I, I'd start that as my first marker in the sense that if you, if you look at the two of them because like black and white to color is already a big black and white to color is a big one and I'm not talking remake I'm talking sequel sequel so it's in continuity another big one I mean black and white to color is a good place to start in terms of thinking because like the color of money and the hustler right uh, and that's also one that's like it's a very classy example because uh, even though that's probably one of the less right. acclaimed Scorsese films yeah uh, it's like not one that even gets talked about very much even though it's a Martin yeah. Scorsese Tom Cruise movie and it's kind of crazy that that doesn't get like the same level of, you almost don't even think of it when you're listing his films. Right. And it's also Martin Scorsese directing a sequel. Right. Uh, to a film that nobody thought was going to have a sequel. Um, unofficially, I would say, because um, this is an unofficial sequel, it's kind of a sneaky sequel, a sneakwell. Right. Is, Not being confused with the squeakwell. Uh, what's the one that was... Uh, Will Smith, Gene Hackman, um, and it's kind of a sequel to The Conversation. It's not Enemy of the State, or it's something where it's like, has a title that's close to that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sorry, Justice texted me. Um, say it again? It's the one that's kind of a sequel to The Conversation in a weird way. Not officially, but like everyone, like Gene Hackman's old photo in this is his photo from The Conversation. Oh. I know um, what you're talking about. I don't, I cannot. I will not be able to. Enemy it. edge of the something of the. I'll find it out. I almost wonder if Doctor Sleep is going to qualify for that. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. That is, they've done. They've gone to so much trouble. I think to. Um, yeah. To make it in world that it's kind of like a red dragon. Yes. Type situation. It is a sequel that is an homage. Yeah. It, it's stylistically, they're working very hard to make it fit. Um, God, there's something that's on the tip of my tongue. Enemy of the State. It is Enemy of the State. Right. Um, whoop. Um. The. I mean, in some ways, the Star Wars prequels would be a great example of, like, uh. Season of the Witch. What's that? The, ha the Halloween movie that's not about Michael Myers. Is that Season of the Witch? The one with the Halloween right. masks. I haven't seen it. So it's like, it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. It's about this company that sells Halloween masks that, like, burn your face off. Okay. Um, um, and it's like, just has nothing to do with the original plot at all. Because I think they thought that there, it was going to be more of an anthology series. And they're like, oh, no, they just want more Michael Myers. Got it. Got it. Right. Got it. Got it. 
the third Godfather would certainly be one that would be in the conversation in terms of like the first two, even though there's a break in filming, they feel as if they could have been filmed all in one go. Right. They're so consistent in the look and tone and style and pacing. And then it's jarring the way the third one looks so different and the rhythms of it feel so different. It doesn't like cut together right. gracefully uh, the way the first two do. Where are we meeting at? Right around here? Uh, yeah, she said she was taking refuge inside here somewhere. In, inside? Inside. Uh, um, she said she is sheltered between coach store and subway entrance. I think it would be... What's the movie if you could... If you could direct a disparate feeling sequel to a film, do you have any film in mind that you like? I'd love to do a. Uh, I almost feel like it works best when it's a movie that you don't like. Right. Uh, I think she's over here. Like there would have been a time when I would have really liked maybe because I, I wasn't a big fan of the Matrix. Right. But I would have. I would have liked to direct, if they hadn't made a second or third one, I would have liked to direct one about him successfully breaking the Matrix, and it would be a comedy about how furious everyone, like, Neo would barely yeah. figure in it. It would be everybody else right. being like, wait, where's my apartment? Like, we live in this gray zone. This guy, Neo, he liberated us. That was all fake. My life was fake? I worked right. hard to get that apartment. And it'd be like, no, but there were these babies that it was feeding off of their, I don't right. care. It'd just be like, can I go, uh, can I go back to that? Like no, it wasn't real. You see people like, like putting the what? trying to put the tubes back yeah, in. Like it felt real to me. There's and it would Jess. just be there's Jess. Hello. Hello. And welcome back. I'm just typing the name Will Hines into my text. Uh, like Dang. Randomly. He, uh, he's the thread that always comes up. Uh, my text. Wait. Take a deep breath. Okay. Oh, I have to get plugged in. Yeah, I'm gonna give you this mic. Hold this. Yeah. Put me. Put there. there you go. Ah. How's it going, fellows? It's going okay. I'd like to hear. Well, let's get away from Loudy. Make a loud face. Into yeah. the, um, you call him Loudy? Loudy McLeod face. Yeah. He's that guy. He's playing some music outside. He outdoors. is. And he's mouthing along, so he knows the words really well. Yeah. And he made sure that I knew that he knew that. And, and okay. There you More go. Power to him. More power. Uh, we're about Testing. to go into what is this Good. place called at Columbus the, the Circle? Time just, Warner Center. The Time Warner Center. It's also the CNN offices are there. Yeah. And then lots of and it's a big fancy mall here. And we're we're back here with longtime guest. Do you prefer to go by Jess or Jessica? Jessica. Jessica. Jessica Vitkus. <laughs> oh uh. I, yeah. think, I think I call you mostly Jess because that's what Lori Baranek always refers uh, to as. She does. No, well, oh my God, we're going to have Christmas carols. This may ruin our fun. All right. Everybody's pushing the paper. We're uh, navigating the revolving door. 
Oh man, these Christmas carols may be a deal breaker. Um, we made it inside. What a world. Can we find a oh, quiet Now we're going to have to clear this music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like you have to clear the Elvis <laughs> Costello that we just listened to. Oh my God, it's hilarious. With Kermit. That's well, the Children's Television Workshop. That We can clear that. It's not going to be quiet. Should we go to William Sonoma? Wait, let's go down. If we go to Whole Foods downstairs, is it quieter? We can. I better be quieter upstairs. All right, let's try it. Well, why don't we go to... Mic, the speakers are right up there if we get above them. Okay. We get a, sound doesn't travel up? <laughs> not like that. How? Well, it's bouncing off of stuff. So, Jessica, you you have a lot of good consonants in your name, so you like using all of them. Oh, my God, there's way too many consonants. I don't Jessica like it. Vitkus. Jessica Oh, Vitkus. you don't like this? Jessica Vitkus. No, I don't like that. I, it's like you get stuck in Jessica your mouth. Vitkus. Jessica Vitkus. And when I had to name my children, it was a big issue because I didn't want them to be cursed as I am. I mean, not, right. I'm used to it now. I like my name. But uh, my mom was going to name me uh, Toby. Mm-hmm. And I wish she still had. I mean, my dad, too. Uh, I, I, Toby Vitkus would be Toby kind of yeah. badass. Did you not decide to name one of your children Toby? No. Well, the, the girls, but I guess I'm a Wait. girl and I could have been Toby. Uh, I didn't. And I also didn't name them the names I picked out. Really? I was going to name them uh, Cordelia and Theodora. And Co- why did you why did you back off? Coco and Teddy. Um because they came out so teeny-weeny, and those were big names. Got and, it. And they didn't really fit. You have to look at the person and see what right. fits. Hi, J.D. Avada. Hi. Hi. It's seen... so good to see you. Yeah, you too. Okay, so I didn't anticipate there were We are higher up. We are higher up. I, I didn't anticipate there more speakers up here. I think you're going to be everywhere. That's Let's why I say Whole Foods. Ugh. Hopefully the sound won't go up any higher <laughs> yeah. than this. Yeah, <laughs> Connor. Hopefully they didn't think to put speakers on this floor. Maybe this is the secular floor. <laughs> That's a secular Wait, song, I wasn't hear, it? That wasn't um, a religious song. I want to hear a recap of your day. How many hours? How deep We're in seven are we? hours in. We're seven okay. hours in. Uh, and we also uh, have between 19 and 28 years left in the podcast. Oh, yeah. So we went <laughs> online and there's these quizzes you can take to yeah. see how long you're Oh, listen to all the music. No, that the song stops. Oh, yeah. listen to the music. So you took these quizzes online yeah. that let you know how long you have left to live. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And... It was a little bleak. Yours was fine. Mine was fine. 19 years is not that many years. One quiz for me said 43 years, and the other one said like 60 years or something, 50 something. Yeah. And for Connor, one of them said 19 years. And the other one said 28. Which I think those are both undershooting it. Because that's saying Connor's going to die at like age 60. Yeah. The other one's like 70. It makes sense to me. So just live like you've got 19 years left. Yeah. Pretty soon, the amount of time I left won't. The amount of time I have left won't be able to vote. <laughs> right. It's gonna get smaller and smaller. Then it won't be able to drive. Right. And then it won't be able to do much of anything. It won't be like potty trained. Right. Well, once once you do that, I'll just both, be. Both you and the amount of years you have left won't be able to use the bathroom without assistance. Both will have diapers. No, because I think I'll die young enough that I won't reach that point. But what'll happen to you? Probably fall off of something. Lose That's my what ba- the, you're lose, not going to deteriorate. Lose, no, lose my oh. balance. No, I think the, the quiz figured out that I'm going to lose my balance. Wait, Jess, talk. I'm saying things with words in and my mouth. And me talk too. And I'm talking. We We're standing outside the window. Uh, upside down umbrella situation. It's to catch the snow it and then it bundles the snow back in, shoot it up through the top. And why is the tree shooting the snow? Because it's Christmas. 
That's how snow is made. It shoots out of the is This is a display that's like, doesn't care what the rules of Christmas are. It just cares about what's fun. The feeling. It goes for the feeling of Christmas. This is weird, too, because they're using a sort of... Hacking low revolution hacking. light, and so it's creating a strobe effect that's a little unsettling. Yeah. Also, that's actually how you do a magic trick. You can do a magic trick where you make it seem like the rain stops mm -hmm. and it has to do a strobe lights. Um, these might be good for me to try my super slow motion. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of been stopping to do this throughout the day. Is it annoying or fun? Uh, you know, a little bit of both. Sort of up to fire beware. <laughs> no. Um. All right. More recap, please. Um. We met up with Patrick Kotner. Oh, yeah. Um, we learned all about his, what he's doing in his current job. And what the, is his current job? He's a guest booking for Marvel. Okay. Marvel Media. So we were just talking about guest booking and stuff like that. Then we walked around at FAO Shorts again. Oh, did you see the Barbies? Uh, we did. It's arranged differently, and we felt very uncomfortable. The vibe was weird. At FAO Shorts? There's a lot of workers there. Kind of delighted by... The slow-mo? I mean, it looks way better on his phone than it does in real life. Because the strobing that you're seeing when it <gasps> moves into super slow-mo. It's terrifying. It is. It's a Santa nightmare. That's awful. That's terrifying. I love it. Right. Why, are they, why did they do that with the strobing? Uh, that's so strange. Well, I've noticed snow globes that used to be water and little yeah. confetti are turning into this more often. This like packing material and air. I, I don't know if it's cheaper. Oh, interesting. Or, uh, yeah, you want to know what probably is too. Is it's probably cheaper to ship. It's yeah. Less, doesn't weigh it doesn't more. break. It doesn't leak right. water. It's less but, but, beautiful though. Less beautiful. Okay, you saw I don't Patrick. Hate these though. Um, I, I I'm I a little bit hate them. This makes me laugh. Yeah. This. <laughs> The, the pitch for why you should ha should not have this in your house is just looking down. Oh, it is a much? carpet of leftover packing material, fake snow, just that all over the ground. Like it missed the umbrella. One kernel at a time. Um, let's see, what else do we have? We spent some time at my apartment. Okay. Then we went to the city, got lunch. Sure. Where'd you get lunch? Hale Hale and Hardy. Oh, okay. Life is good. A lot of vegetables. Yeah, you know. Offered up there. Of course. Then we went to F.A.O. Schwartz. Then we. Did they have the like paleontologist Barbie? Well, I'm, you know. No, we, well, we didn't really look around because there's a lot of workers there. Oh yeah, and what about and the big? Okay. We didn't even go over there. You didn't go to the big piano? Because what well, would you say? It just was the vibe was the different. The vibe was off. It was a little weird. Well, it's holiday season shopping time, isn't that what they were that, all about? It no? wasn't that. It wasn't that the rush. Almost. It's hard. It's hard. Let's go up one more level. All right. It's hard to well, pinpoint you can't exactly. Really go up one more level. You can. Okay, but you'll see. It's Why? the entrance to a bunch of fancy restaurants. Oh. Where's the where's the Amazon store at? Right there. That's it? You can go there. And this is like one of the most expensive restaurants. Masa? Oh, yeah. It's like a billion dollars. Yeah. If you go up to Escalade, you have to eat there. Uh, yeah. Where they have that uh, I could eat? It's matzo. It's only matzo. No, matzo doesn't have a matzo. No. What do they have that I could eat? Do they do grilled cheese? Maybe. Do you want to spend a lot of money on grilled cheese? Would they make, can you order off menu? <laughs> you have to per se and ask them if they would. They moved this Amazon store. It was over there, wasn't it, before? Uh, it was where the borders used to be. So this bridge gives me a lot of anxiety. Really? This I'm, gives me I'm anxiety. afraid of heights. Yeah, because it doesn't feel right. Mm -mm. What we're walking over doesn't feel right. But no. for you guys, no. I... 
You did I just, it. I just look straight ahead. You imagine you're just on the sidewalk. Yes. I'm now, gonna be more discreet about my. So you'll have to do more of the talking. Okay. Yeah, I'll do more of it. Mm. Where it's did funny um, that you walk into an Amazon store and the first book is something called Open Borders. Right. Because this place basically closed down the borders of this time. And you have um, some bookstore history, don't you? I do. I worked in a Barnes and Noble. Noble Union Square for 13 years. Oh, good God. 13 years? Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think I would enjoy working in a store like this because I my sense of it is that everything like store. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I also like, but it's also I think like I don't I think everything's done by like algorithm here. Yeah. And I don't think that there's any room for like a person who works here to be like I think this would do really well. Right. All I think right. it's Look all... how many books are from TV. Downton Abbey book. Well, this Behold, in fairness this is the entertainment. Oh, it's entertainment. <laughs> Noted, and that is fair. Um, but it's still oh a lot. Look over here. Look at how many of these are graphics. Okay, well, here's the thing. <laughs> okay. This is actually interesting. Yeah. McElroy's. Adventures. Their two books. Made it into the Amazon store. That's a big deal. But also look how big science fiction is, because in this section, look how many of these books are science fiction or fantasy. I know. Hmm. The whole thing's twisted. Um... J.D., would you like it if I got you this book that is just a guide to Westeros and beyond Game of Thrones? You never watched the show, but I just, you would just read this book as if this was the only thing that ever that ever was made of it? Yeah, I would do that for you. That's not the question. Would you like that? Um, if instead of you ever watching the show, I just gave you this and said, treat this as if George R. R. Martin never wrote a novel, they never made a TV show, but somebody made this book. Self-contained. And your question is, would I like that? Would you like that? No. The I book wouldn't. made from the TV show, made from the book. You wouldn't like it oh, if, if I so told funny. you to imagine. It's book to TV made, show, back to book. Back to book. Yes, but imagine that this was the only thing that ever existed. What if I? Okay. What if I did? What if then I did that? I and read your own. And then I took that to my agency. Made a movie. To my agency, and I was like, I have this thing that I'd like to develop Adapt. into a <laughs> yes. movie or a TV, or a TV show. series. And just just let it keep going, yeah. like a mirror, a hall of mirrors. Exactly. Yeah, I like it. JD, if you had to make a movie off of one of the books here, which we all have to choose. I love that game. Um, okay. That is again. We're looking at our books. It, only in this aisle, though, only right? This aisle. Not on this side. Ah. No. Oh no, both sides. Come on. Both sides. Okay. Um. Mm. Okay. Uh, I might pick just this little dinosaur situation. That's by our friend Avery. Our friend Avery Monson, friend of the show. Oh, really? Because he's a friend of ours. Okay. Well, I think it would be fun. Avery, we can actually make this deal happen. Right. Well, Uh, now I want in though. Yeah, but I picked it. Jessica Vitkiss, one of the great showrunners of television (laughs) history, who wants to make. All My Friends Are Dead into a show if he hasn't already sold the rights. One of the, one Let's of the, do it. One of the minds behind Wonder Chosen wants yeah. to take All My Friends Are Dead and turn the show. Avery, who listens to the podcast. Who plays a magician on high maintenance. Okay. Avery, get in touch. We'll talk. Uh, that's great. Uh, if I was going to... I mean, this is maybe a, a hard thing to make. Yeah, it's a little bit of cheat there. Why? Because it's like a thing that you 
truly love. Yeah. Have you seen this? Fine, if we're gonna all cheat, then great. I'll make my I'll make my friend's podcast come and go into it. I have I said I'm not gonna do this one, but it still would be like this would be too hard to do. It's a, a Rusty Brown by Chris Ware, the first half of it. I think oh. okay, and if I had to pick something from this aisle, I would pick I'm gonna... <laughs> okay, here's mine. What's yours? I'm picking the DC Comics Encyclopedia. Okay. But mine is it's a show about the person making the encyclopedia. <laughs> right. And so it's in the world of the DC universe, and they have to make the encyclopedia. They're like, it's like the <coughs> Britannica staff. So it's about the person sitting at their computer yeah. for like 12 hours at a time. Yeah, and being like... I guess we have to talk about that Batman guy. It's like, really? He's just sort of a... He's just in one episode. I but in this world, it's real. real. Oh, yeah. So he's like a crime fighter guy. Oh, okay. Hey, I, let's do, go to, I do this. Mm-hmm. Let's go to another aisle. I think that might... Right. Also, this is a fun book. I have the big version of this, but I haven't seen the small version of the Stanley Kubrick archives. Stanley Kubrick archives. Wow. I'd adapt this into a one movie. What's Got your... It. Okay. What's your favorite Kubrick? Strange Love. Good choice. What about yours? Uh, I have a big Strange Love, too. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, I really, I really... Um, okay. Now we're in the Ooh, kids' books area. Scanimation is great. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah. This wiggle? Yeah. I... Just read a thing recently. We gotta get away from this. Yeah. Um, I just read a thing recently, and it's this guy I want to try to talk to for Dead Eyes. So I, this may be redundant, but look up the story of this guy. He basically, he's one of the actors who was in Full Metal Jacket. Did you hear about this guy at all? There's a Hollywood Reporter article about this. He's doing this one-man show. He's one of the guys in. Uh, I think it's. It's in Full Metal Jacket. He's in the helicopter and he's shooting civilians from the helicopter. And he's saying, right. "Get some, get some. I love this." And he's like having a great time killing people. This actor was supposed to play the uh, drill sergeant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he spent two years basically on call, just like he'd had his head shaved for this, and he was like on hold and Kubrick put him up in a uh, in an apartment that had previously, I think belonged to Margot Kidder and he wanted to keep him separate from the rest of the cast because he wanted him to come in and be uh, right. like intimidated. Yeah. yeah. And every day he thought maybe the next day he was going to start gonna filming be the his day. scenes. Uh, he became friends with um, who was the main actor? Uh, Michael Biehn uh, who was in Terminator and Aliens. They were filming Aliens in London during this time and during the years that he was filming Full Metal Jacket they made all of Aliens during like a six-month chunk of that. So there was a period where he like had Christmas. He became friends because he's just at the hotel. He became friends with Michael Biehn. Became friends with the Aliens cast. They were all like, right. "This guy's cool. He's working on a Kubrick. He got a main part in a Kubrick's movie." Uh, he had like Christmas with them, and everything, and then they finished their movie and moved on. And finally, he got to the point where, uh, during all this time, Arlie Army was the consultant, technical consultant, who was helping train all of the other actors. And he was secretly lobbying to try to get the part. He wanted the role. And because he was around, he's like improvising in front of them. Right. Kubrick sees him this whole time. 
Kubrick finally, like, his assistant sends a letter to this actor, and his assistant delivers it, saying, "We're so, so I'm so sorry, but uh, basically I have two great quarterbacks, and I can only put one of them in, and we're going to go with the other guy, and I have this other small part for you that's only one little scene, but I'd like you to do this instead. I'm so sorry this didn't work out. And uh, Michael Bean was there when the assistant, like, delivered the letter. Yeah. And Michael Bean, like, got up, and he was like, you have ten seconds to get out of here right now, because he was so mad that Kubrick had, like, delivered this message by a proxy and all this, and he knew how upset he'd watched this guy that he yeah. was not friends with, like, go through hell for two years. Like, oh, my God. I guess that point had been in six months or a year or something. Then, at first he was like, okay, well, I'll, yeah, I'll just, I guess I have no choice. I'll do this small part. Then he was told, actually, we've cut that scene. That part isn't there anymore. And at that point, he, like, called a lawyer, and he was like, I'm suing you. I'm suing Warner Brothers. Right. You've cost me two years where I couldn't work do on commercials anything else. or anything yeah. else because I thought I was going to have a lead role in a Kubrick movie, and now I don't even get that one scene. And then, so they agree. They're like, we'll let you film that scene. And so he finally, like gets to film the scene and first he's not even working with Kubrick it's like the, the first AD when they did the first two right. takes and he was playing it where he was like smiling acting like he really was having fun and Kubrick came oh first of all then when he arrived on set they'd given him the wrong lines to memorize oh. so they and he was like I've been waiting for years and now I show up yeah. and now I don't even, I'm not even prepared because you gave me the wrong lines so then he's he films the scene, and then Kubrick starts directing, and Kubrick's like, don't smile and don't laugh when you're doing that. Play it like this. So he takes the direction right. or whatever, and then they're done. Right. The movie comes out, and uh, he gets invited to the premiere, and he said the take that Kubrick used was one of the first takes that he did before Kubrick started giving him direction. And he was, like, impressed. He's like, after all that, he had, like... The, the wherewithal as an artist to n not be proud yeah. and like no I want the ones where I gave you notes and I gave you direction uh, and then he like had a credit like a main credit as an actor it wasn't like a small right. credit but he was like one of the main actors named in it but it was such an insane story that it made me feel like oh my story is so like puny this is right. like this is like a story that is as intense as the movie just from an actor's point of view that you'd spend right. all that time yeah. you know living with the idea and you've told everybody and you've you know it's like humiliating to like have you ever had what's the most humiliating career thing you've had where not not publicly but for yourself where you like maybe counted the eggs before they hatched oh or something where in your head you were like you don't have to say it you can blind item it but something where you were like oh yeah this is I'm in the the, the whatever the equivalent is of being in the um, apartment for two years and being like, all right, I'm here to do this thing, and then it falling through. Doesn't that happen all the time, though? Just not on Constantly. such a big scale? But I, I'm trying to think of what my version of that would be. Well, mine would probably be the Dead Eyes, would be the yeah. that thing. I'm trying to think of There definitely are things where I felt more like, oh, I shouldn't have agreed to do this, or like, why am I here? Like, I've got one of those. I've got one I can think of. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think what they even are now because it's kind of like uh, like agreeing to take like a small part of something and then realizing when you're there you're like oh I don't I'm not needed in this why am I here why right. are they like oh I know I know um, there was a 
I don't even know if this aired or if this ended up being a thing. But there was a show a couple of years ago that was like a... I don't know what it was called. But it was like a... Uh, like a thrown together at the last minute like talk show scavenger hunt type thing. Right. I can't remember what it was called now. But me and several other like UCB people were... Uh, told that it'll be like X amount of money and it's supposed to only be like a couple of hours be like two or three hours so it wasn't great money but also wasn't a lot of time right and the idea was that we would be in Times Square in these costumes and uh, the celebrity guests would have to like, go find us as like these costume characters in oh Times yes Square. I know about this and so I was dressed up as like a like a 1970s like pimp in Times Square and I was told that it would be like we'd be filming between like 8 and 10.30 or something it was like a.m. or p.m. p.m. okay and it ended up being it ended up going it was supposed to be like I think that whole show was like a mess though yeah it ended up going until like 2 in the morning or 3 in the it was like really late Mm -hmm. And I was wearing these, like, heels, like, these big shoes. So by the end of it, I was, like, in so much pain. that, And it was one of those things where when it got to me, like, I was supposed to be released at, like, 10.30 or Mm -hmm. 11. And it got to that point, and I'm like, we're not even filming this yet. And then we got to be, like, this was not that long. This was, like, a few years ago. Oh, no. And, uh... And then it got to be, like, midnight, and then I was at a point where, like, I need to be released. Like, I don't know what's happening, but, like, I can't do this. I was supposed to be home by now. Like, I was supposed to be done. And, yeah. And there was a point where I was literally, at one point, I was lying down at, like, 1.30 in the morning. I was lying down on the sidewalk on 42nd Street because I couldn't stand anymore. Yeah. And it was for a thing that I'm almost certain there was no way you would even know I was in it. Like, I'm just in the crowd in Times Square. Right. And there were, like, two or three other people who were, like, really talented UCB people who were in, like, unrecognizable costumes wandering around Times Square waiting for the, like, celebrity guests to, like, come find us. Ugh. And I just... I think this was right before I, like, agreed to get a manager. Because I was like, this can't happen again. Like, I need someone that I I remember that you having that exact revelation also. Where I was like, I can't do this. It's a good uh, thing to realize. But wait, were you talking to producers and you're like, okay, I need to go. And they're like, fine, no, just a couple more minutes. Like, what Yeah, was- they kept saying, and then I was getting to the point where I'm like, we're not getting paid any extra for this. And it's going hours, like it's going, it went twice as long as it was supposed to go. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, I not never bad. would agree. They're like, this is going to be like a seven hour shoot or something, or six hour shoot. And it was outside, and it was cold, and it was, like, everything about it was bad. And it was not a project where you'd be getting paid well to begin with. No, and there was nothing, and it, and there was a la- there was not only a lack of prestige to this, there was, like, it felt like, by the end of it, it felt like, oh, we've been used. Right. Like, it felt yeah. like we were taken advantage of in a way that, like, no one's ever asked me to do a free or like an unpaid show where I felt as abused as I felt on this thing that I probably made like $150 for. And you're like, just he'll just make it colorful. You'll be in the background. It's a colorful Didn't matter. It was also I was also angry that it was like it was like Marshall Stratton was yeah. in. I was like, he's not being used. Like this is the funny guy that like he should be 
like Ken Beck, and there were like people who were like, these are all people who are capable of being really funny, and it literally could have been anybody wearing these costumes. Do I keep walking? Yeah. Um, I was on the other side of one of those situations, mm -hmm. where it was a project that I was directing. I'll, I'll follow you. Yeah. Um, let's go out and keep walking around. Okay. Um, but the only reason, and some people did let leave, and I was like, you can leave, and you're still going to get paid for doing this. Right. But the only reason some people were okay with it was, and I guess I'll blind out of it. It was the the reason it was delayed was because of the star, uh -huh. who was a famous person. Part of their persona was that they were a diva. Yeah, and they wanted everybody wanted to meet this person. Or they just sort of reveled in the fact that, like, yeah, of course you were in that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. This was, it was I'll, a different day than the day that you were, or is it that night, or maybe the next day, I can't remember when. Yeah. But yes, you know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. <laughs> but it always went way later, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, we get it. Did the diva show up, and was it satisfying? Uh, the diva showed up. Oh my God, that was also... That was also a thing where there were uh, union issues and all kinds oh, of things. Oh, so many things. And, and it was on a thing... It was on a thing that you can't even watch a thing on anymore. No, it's a, it's a thing that ceases to exist. Okay. And uh, by ceases, we don't mean CISO. No. no. It was not CISO. <laughs> no. Huh. I mean, you couldn't... This was the type of project where you couldn't go 90 minutes without something going amiss. And not in a fun way. Someday, yeah, someday we'll reveal what this was. Because it truly is a fun show business disaster right um, and we were both involved in it separately by we didn't come to it in the same way yeah and you, you, again you couldn't go 90 minutes because something going wrong did you go in there yeah okay. uh, I the, a, th a thing that I've had happen before is less projects mm -hmm. and more meetings Okay. So I was just, I've been pitching this. People one just of the many waste. Things I've been pitching was the like, meetings feel like a waste of time. Oh my god. Yeah. I have this kids show. One of the many things I've been pitching. Yeah. And um, I went to this meeting for a big place that produces children's programming. Sure. Of all variety. Mm-hmm. And I spent all this time nailing my pitch down to like, like I think I'm I'm very good in the room, and then getting my pitch down to like exactly like this is the thing yeah and like halfway through the people were like oh that's a different department and I was like what and it was I've never been more mad at my representation they don't even just fake it and listen to the rest of your pitch they it was just one of those things where I was like okay okay bye like it was just so awful oh and you're just dismissed like I it was like pitching a couple ideas yeah but it was just once that balloon's been, ugh, there's no worse feeling than going to a pitch and having someone like pull the rug out. Yeah, it's rude. Just ugh. like fake it at least. I know that's what I think. Let it be practice. Um, I've helped. There's one Emmy-nominated TV show that will re remain nameless mm -hmm. that I helped develop with like all kinds of phone calls, the very very early stages. From people I worked with before, we're thinking of making this a show. How would you make it a show? What should we do to like make a sizzle? Right. And it was just a bunch of phone calls. 
and then and then I saw it like taking to the next level and the next level and then they were staffing up and like looking for showrunners and staff and I even like hey I see the like email right. I'm emailing the person that I had the phone mm-hmm. calls with how's that going like I'm I'm free and I'm such a fan I love yeah remember we talked about the things and the places and the doings and um, and they like pussyfooted around and then to their credit they were like we found someone to be a showrunner and it's not you and you know I hadn't signed anything like they weren't right. like breaking any rules mm-hmm. but I felt a little I felt a little used but yeah. they also it's their right like I also respect it you have to make hard choices it's such a bummer though oh yeah and then when you're in that situation you're like how can I make how am I I want to make sure I'm never stepping on people without knowing it in the same way that because it just feels bad and no doubt I've done that accidentally it's that thing of like the pussyfooting around and probably in their minds is being was being polite is being kind but it's not kind ultimately it's like and I I prefer tough love to not knowing always 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing worse than being in a thing, too. Being in a situation, too, where you're like, well, I'm going to get nothing out of this now. Yeah. That there's no nothing to gain from this. Especially, too, once you've been doing things for a long enough time and you're like, even this experience, I don't need. How about the people that call you up and, like, let's get together. I want to pick your brain about this idea I have about a thing. It to- those are it's like free they want free consultation and I'm open to those things depending on the relationship I have with them. you know what I mean like yeah. there's some people like for instance if either of you call me and are like hey can we meet together so I can like talk about this idea I'd be like yeah, yeah of course yeah but sometimes it's people that you don't know it all yeah oh god I bet you have people like oh my friend's son is interested in comedy yes. and will you? Oh God, all the time. And that's okay. This, I've sort of created. What do you do? I created a rule. I think Connor's done a similar thing, but my rule, I call it the email rule, where Tell I do my email first. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Because I've been burned a couple times where you agree to it and then you show up and it's like, oh, you've done neither any thinking about this. Nor does it seem like you're really interested in it. This is more your parent wanting, yeah. or whoever it was that connected, yeah. wanting you to... Oh, meet with that person, and they'll right. give you ideas, slash they'll help you get a job. And then you meet that person, and the person's like, couldn't be less interested. Right. No, I do and so then the, I do yeah. the email thing where I'm yeah. like... What are you interested oh, in? yeah, tell me about this, that. And sometimes people write these like great emails oh, and be okay. engaged and be like... Oh, I, this thing that you've worked... And like, they, they know who I am, and they know what they want, and da-da-da. And then... Once we go back and forth a couple of times, then if I have time, I'll be like, great, let's sit down or this or if an opportunity comes up. Yeah. But I've, I've had to give up on doing the cold. Yeah. yeah I'll get coffee with someone, if, even if it's a favor, because it's just so many times that you're like, why did I do this? Yeah. There's got to be a good way to help people. I, I like your idea of like kind of a pre-screen. Yeah. And see if they're going to like do the work and walk the walk. Right. Because if I email someone, if they email me and are like, I want to get coffee or whatever, and then I email back and I'm like, 
tell me about the type of stuff you want to make or what you're working mm -hmm. on or what kind of job you're looking for. And if they come back and are like, I don't know, then you're like, all right, well, you should think about that. Yeah. Not in a mean way, but just in no. a like, truly... Should we give advice in the podcast? Should we give people getting yeah, right. started advice? I don't know. Well, I think it's what's hard is that it's so different for everybody. Yeah. I think that's why the pre-screening thing is not bad. Yeah. Is because it, it lets you start understanding what you're dealing with. Right. In terms of creativity or charisma or right. work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> we're, down, we're in Whole Foods now. Downstairs at the Time Warner Center. I forgot. There's this little like social area. Yeah. Or we could even have a seat. Are you yeah, guys you tired? Sure. I'm thinking. I'll get another one. That's a great idea. What's happening? So we were just talking about um, when someone asks to get coffee. Usually, if it's like, oh, my nephew or my neighbor's son or whatever. Right. And how Jessica and I have both been burned. Not burned, but like you have, you meet, agree, and then it's like someone who just hasn't done any of the work themselves to sort even be curious it, about. Or they want it like handed to them on a platter. Right. Have you had those where people are like... No, because I don't have anything to offer anybody. You have wisdom, advice. First start taking classes or something. Experience. Um, the only thing that I've had like that is there were instances, there was an overlap between when I worked at Barnes & Noble. Mm -hmm. There was a period where in the last few years that I worked at Barnes & Noble where my profile at UCB was rising and I was doing like ASCAD and Stepfathers mm -hmm. and things like that. There were people who knew that I worked at Barnes & Noble and that I'd be on the sales floor who would oh. come to the store and want to talk about improv and ask questions about right. improv, knowing that I couldn't go anywhere. Right, you're trapped. So right. I'd be shelving books and they would be, <laughs> they would come in and basically be like, so what do you do when you're like in a scene and this happens? And I mean, it wasn't that bad in that it would pass right. the time. Right. You know, I'm just shelving books. And I'd be like, uh, well, usually what I do is I'll try to do this. But sometimes it would last for a really long time right. and I was aware that I'm like, this sucks, I can't go anywhere and I can't just be like, leave. You I don't want to talk like, about I improv. have to go on break. I'm no, what I would usually do is at a certain point I would organically have to leave the floor to go get books down in the yeah. basement. I would try to use that as a natural break. But sometimes the people would still be there. Just, when you came back. And, and they would want to know, they would want to ask me questions about improv and I would just be doing my work. And it wasn't that big a deal, but I was aware that I'm like, this is free. Like, this is right. like... Uh, You're getting like a free consultation. Yeah, like free improv coaching while I work in a place where I'm uh, trapped. I can't go anywhere. And it's not really... It's not that big a deal. Right. But it, that's the closest thing to yeah. it. But I don't have... Generally, I, I don't think I, I have... I've never been in a position where I'm like hiring or firing mm -hmm. or could recommend somebody for anything. I don't even have the thing of like, I don't teach at UCB, so I don't even have that level of like, right. I'm not the person who's deciding who goes right. on like Lloyd Knight or something, you know? Which that helps. The fact that I don't have that, any of that kind of authority means that I'm not somebody that people would want a coffee with, you know? In that way. Well, you heard it, everybody. Reach out to Connor for coffee. <laughs> Get coffee. He's available and he's eager. That's right. <laughs>
Um, I also feel like I have had, I guess I have had some people who inquired about things like that, and my honest answer has usually been that I have like at least a dozen friends that I'm neglecting that I don't have time to like uh, see. Right. That I don't have time to have coffee with a stranger when, as is, I have friends who've had children that I haven't met their children. Right. And they've been alive for almost a year. Right. You know, so it's like, I gotta do that before I have coffee with a stranger who wants to talk about acting or whatever. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. I saw on Facebook you were an ass cat last night. Oh, yeah. I have monologues. Yeah. Yeah. What was fun? What was your monologue about? Let's see, I did monologues about some like grown up stuff, and then I did monologues about my sister stuff. And your bike riding club, and yeah. uh, what's the place after dark? Highland Park after dark. Highland Park after dark. Highland Park, Chicago. Illinois, I guess. What's the name of your bike club again? It was the Funway Kids Club Friday Night Night Biking Association. I like that you had the word night in there twice. Yeah. <laughs> is this in Highland Park? This was in Wilmette. Yeah. But one time we rode, we had to stop at Highland Park after dark, and it was a true, like, Mad Max scenario full of, like, 13-year-olds, like, burning cigarettes on each other and, like, smashing pumpkins. Oh. Not the band. Not the band. Not the band. The reality. The real thing. Yeah. What was your, um, this is a little out of left field, but what was Halloween like in Wilmette and Highland Park? Uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. When you were a kid trick-or-treating. It was like the movies and that, like, you look outside and there'd be kids everywhere. Yeah. Going house to house. Uh-huh. Like, because it's a very, fairly dense suburban area. And... You know, fairly idyllic, whatever. So it's like kids could just go out and roam around. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like kids in like packs of anywhere from like ten to three or whatever mm-hmm. um, groups of kids um, going from house to house. And some houses would have like crazy decorate. They'd go like way, way, way overboard. But everyone was invested. And like my sister and I were talking about that because I think rules have changed. But like we used to trick or treat like. Well, for kids was late into the night. Yeah, by ourselves. Right. Yeah. I, How about you? I was in the suburbs of Chicago also. Oh, Remember? right. We're both, from, we're both Midwesterners. I was in Glen Allen. Right, I forgot you were in Glen Allen. Glen Allen. And it was it was very Norman Rockwelly meets Lord of the Flies. I feel like Glen Allen is more spread out than Lynette, though. Am I wrong? Uh, parts Maybe of not. it. Part, parts of it. it. But I definitely grew up in, like, you know, yeah. suburban utopia. And kind of, I feel like that's what Jeff City was probably like, too. Yeah. But definitely no adults. It was like kids yes. ruled the night. Truly. In the best way. And then it got a little scary. If you're a little kid, towards the end, the big kids come out and they could steal your candy. And right. They have pillowcases full of stuff that they could, like, whip at your head if you right. treated them wrong. Although, that never really happened. Mm, sometimes. Happened a little bit, but not as much as you'd be... Afraid of it happening as a kid. I had a big brother. I have a big brother who could yeah. either protect me from others like that, or he could be the pillowcase headwhacker right. himself easily. Got it. Um, yeah. I feel like when I was growing up, there was the mall. Yeah. Which, on a weekend night, felt like there were a lot of older teenagers, and depending on what age you were, it mm-hmm. felt kind of. And then there was Missouri Boulevard, which was Missouri Boulevard. Missouri Boulevard. Oh, Missouri. Okay. Where. It felt like there'd be places where there'd be like teenagers with cars. It was kind of like 
there's still that aspect of that culture that I think started maybe in the 50s mm -hmm. where it's like the we're going to drive fast and we're going to park in this parking lot and see right. what happens and we're going to hang out and it's also weird because when you have like an area that's also like small town Midwest but there's like rural surroundings and like it feels like oh do, are people just finding places that are like on the outskirts of town that are like right yeah there's a field or there's like woods out by this place so like let's go out to like this property you know yeah there was always like kids in the cemeteries and in the parks it was like you didn't if you were a young kid like you wouldn't go near the places where it was like not trick-or-treating territory yeah so that was like who knows what's going on out there Yeah. Uh, it's not like that now. Right. I'm sure you know. Adults well, have to go with the kids. I've gone trick or treating the past two years in uh, Northfield. Yeah. This so, year it's so kids don't go trick or treating on their own anymore. I don't think so. I mean, a grown up goes, and it's a bunch of. I mean, my kids are little; they're six years old, so they definitely go with a grown up. But I mean, uh, I feel like when I was a kid, I didn't go on my own. I think, I, I think the little kids went with the bigger kids pretty early on, is the way I remember it. Yeah, that's what happened with me. I yeah. think my parents went maybe when I was really young. Maybe. Yeah, but my at parents certain were point happy was, to check out and yeah. be like, bye, see you later. Truly. But, th so, this year is also different because it snowed like six or seven inches yeah. on Halloween, so yeah. that was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. But in Northfield, where my sister lives, where her kids live, uh, trick-or-treating ends at 7 p.m. What? Oh, it's they from go like after school. 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., yeah. Oh, that's not the way it should be. Yeah, and then by like 7.30, it's like no one's out. It was also different this year because it was freezing cold and right, full right, of and snow. Right, snow. But I was still like, when I was a kid, we'd be out as late as we could go. I found somebody, I think a year or so ago, uh, somebody directed me to uh, video footage that was from 1990 mm -hmm. uh, of my dad uh -huh. on, this would have been five years after he quit working at the TV station in Jeff City. My dad was a weatherman and a kid show host. And Jefferson City Public Access was a pretty new station at that point, it was a new thing. And they were doing a thing called Spook Patrol, which okay. was Okay. A Halloween a great special. <laughs> that word is not exclusively a racial slur around Halloween. I know, but still, it's sort of like uh, the reason he came. Yes. Where it's like, you could probably pick another one. Um, Spooky Patrol. But specifically, well, there's other Ghost, things that aren't going to make patrol. sense. Ghost Patrol. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. I don't, I, all I'm saying is I don't think my dad's a racist, J.D. I was not my <laughs> your dad was a racist, Connor. Since um, I am your time traveling father, the is this true? My dad uh, and JD look like Looper, the movie Looper. There's photos of his dad when he's like my age, and they, we look. Your young dad looks like photo. him. Yeah, I want to see. Yeah, yeah I'll to the point you. where like, you know, when people do that, they're like, it looks like you, and you so always like, look at the photo, and you're like, no. This is, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I see it. Especially the video of him at my age. Yeah. The way that he like walks and moves and oh, walks. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can find it. So he hosted a Halloween episode there was a thing of that Cable was basically, Access. You know how, like, I don't know if you have these, where they have these things that are like Project Graduation, uh, which is like a lock-in on graduation night to, because so many, like, kids die from, like, drunk driving, yeah. and, and, like, right. it, it's like a it's like a notoriously unsafe thing, like, the okay. number of times right. where it's like, yeah, graduation night, and there's this party, and it got out of hand. 
So they do this thing called Project Graduation, mm -hmm. which is designed to, it's like bribing you into safety. Okay. All these local businesses give thing give prizes. Okay. Including they always try to get one car dealership to have a car be one of the prizes so you can actually win a car, a car for graduation. If you don't go out and party. Yeah, and it's basically like they get like all kind like free pizza, free soda, free right. there's like big bouncy castles, there's like it's usually at like a YMCA or something, so there's like basically it's like an all night party but it's it's all safe. Right. And they do it as a way of like trying to prevent, otherwise kids are just going to be doing whatever they want that night and they're going to drive fast and they're going to die, you know? Right. Spook Patrol seems like it was designed with a similar mindset. It was done, it was like the local banks and the local like schools and the newspaper and the police and it's about encouraging safety with trick-or-treating and part of it is that you want to get your trick-or-treating done early so that you can go home and wait to get a phone call from Spook from Patrol, Spook Patrol <laughs> where you will win free things at local okay. businesses. So the idea is like, JD, like at age 10 or whatever, you want to get home by like 7.30 so that you, you might Patrol. get a phone call from Spook Patrol and you I might get it. Dennis from the Spook Patrol. It's, You've won 30% off Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have 30 minutes of video from this. Oh my uh, God. They were like showing like, cartoons that they were like public domain cartoons or something but it was basically like this very weird phone bank that they were running where they were just calling I guess you could sign up there was an event the night before Halloween where you could yeah, sign like, up and maybe that you go to the right. mall and they'd be like bobbing for apples okay. and all this stuff and you could sign up to be a spook patrol recipient so you of a get call your number yeah. so you get a call or whatever and uh, <laughs> and they had so my dad's hosting and this other woman's hosting and my dad, you can see, he's like, it's been a few years since he's done it, but he's basically still, like, able to, like, vamp on right. air, and it's, like, a very specific kind of broadcasting skill. And when they go to the calls, it's Batman and the Scarecrow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, people who are fans of Batman or have seen the Christian Nolan movies will think, the Scarecrow, you mean the villain, the psychiatrist? Who, no, Wizard like, of Oz. It's the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Got it. But it's also the Batman is just a guy with a Midwestern accent who sounds a little bit like this. And he's like, well, I'm Batman, and uh, here we got the Scarecrow. We're going to be calling the... Uh, oh, boy. Call, yeah. And, and the Scarecrow has, like, three questions. And he's incapable of adapting because his questions are basically like, uh, hey, this is Scarecrow from Spook Patrol. Uh, just call and see. Did, did you stay in your own neighborhood and trick-or-treat tonight? And uh, you, you, you went with your parents, and you, you didn't soap any windows tonight, did you? And were you safe? And did you make sure your parents checked your candy? And, like, he had a handful of questions. Wait, what's soaping a window? I, I guess this is a You take prank. a bar of soap and you draw. But I forgot that was a thing for until right now. But he asked everybody the nice same. Thing to do? Can you easily wash it off? It's better than TPing a tree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he had these questions. But if, it's funny to watch on the video because... There was some kid who evidently, I guess, hadn't gone out, so the the answers to the questions were all wrong. And so he's like, hey, did you make sure to go trick-or-treat in your own neighborhood? No. Uh, well, did you have your parents check your candy? No. Well, you, uh, you're being good, though, right? Like, he's, like, trying yeah. to, like, get to, like, oh, okay, well, then you get a prize. And some of the prizes are things that are, like, you get a Garfield phone. It's like, that's not pretty bad, good. a Garfield phone, pretty that's good. Pretty good. Some of the people got like $50 savings bonds and you're hearing this kid that's like, okay. 
it, like you can like get fifty dollars like ten years from now. Right. Like, and uh, my favorite is there's this one kid who gets a call and his prize is a year's worth of free haircuts from cost cutters at the Walmart Supercenter. Limit one haircut per month. <laughs> so it's like twelve free haircuts. <laughs> every day. What was? Twelve free haircuts. Did, was he happy about that? No, like you can tell, this kid was like, <laughs> haircuts. I don't okay. care if I, I don't pay for my own haircuts. I don't care if I ever get a haircut again. Like as right. a kid, I never was like, a haircut was a thing that you Suffer just found out yeah. you were getting, yeah. and then you got it. Um, but the big thing about it was like trying to get the kids home by a certain time so that they would like they could get free haircuts. Yeah, so they could get a prize, which may or may not be something that they want at all. So was it popular? Did it work? Well, what's interesting is the guests for... It's a, kids it's a, kept sort of breaking into people's houses to pick up the spook phone. The, <laughs> the guests who were... This show was not produced with any mindset of... That kids would want to watch this. Because, like, they literally have, like, someone who's, like, the head of public relations for Lincoln University... And they like talk to them about how's enrollment going this year? And like, oh, no. we're doing really. Well. And it's like, this isn't even interesting to an adult who would understand <laughs> what it means. We let should alone bring a, back the Spook Patrol. It's, uh, yeah. We should do the Spook Patrol podcast. You call people up. You go, did you trick or treat this year in your own neighborhood? And you get. Pri- we can easily get prizes that are no good. You didn't soap any windows, did you? And it should not be a. <laughs> it should not be a Halloween based. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just have <laughs> it. That's Anytime. Great. I like having a game show element to the show, to your show. Oh, yeah, 12 hour day. 12 hour day. <laughs> Just from hour like There's 8 nothing. to 9, do the quiz. Here, okay, here's what we shoot for 12 hour day. If you want, you can email us your phone number <laughs> and the Spook Patrol will call you. What's our email? I don't know, but I mean, I, I can tweet Twitter. this out and say, uh, no, it's too complicated. Yeah, what's our email? Well, I don't remember. Can't people just direct message you on Twitter? Only if we follow them. But you can tweet at us. But you're not going to tweet your phone, phone number. <laughs> um, okay, I have to go in like 15 minutes. Okay. So, I'm happy lightning to... round. Sure. I mean, or just know that I'm going in 15 minutes. Just know minutes. it. That's lightning. Okay. The lightning is that it's an ephemeral thing that comes and goes. Sure. Um, but I also really, my, the thing I enjoy the most is you never, the Scarecrow's inability to really like roll with it that well. Uh, he just had his script and he couldn't But also really, there's something that really makes me laugh about the fact that the person playing Batman is just a Midwestern man in a, like, it's the least convincing Bruce Wayne. Hi, it's me, So Batman. he's just Bruce Wayne. He's not even in no, Batman here. No, he's Batman, okay. but it's just imagine, Because like, at this point, the only Batman had been Adam, Adam West. West. Uh, no, Michael Keaton. Oh. By 1990? Was Wasn't 19, Batman 1989? It was 1989. It was 1990. Spook Patrol was 1990. God. We already had... Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess Batman was 89. Uh, and... But people were upset that it was Michael Keaton. He wasn't like, this is the Spook Patrol. No. My best Michael Keaton. Uh... <laughs> Just the idea that someone's like, hi there, everybody. I'm the Batman, and I'm here with the uh, Scarecrow. We're calling people. Uh, hey, it's me Spider-Man time. here, too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Frankenstein here. Um. Oh, and it's me, the mummy. Uh, <laughs> Spook Patrol. 
I'm trying to find that. Uh, See, I, I thought Spook Patrol was going to be that they enlist kids to like roam the streets as oh. ghosts and goblins. It doesn't. Well, protecting here's, the young kids. Or Spook why Patrol a, could be scary stories. Here's why it's a bad name. Wait, what? He's going to be scary stories. Like people, t- the hosts, oh, the right. adults telling scary stories, right. like a fun Vincent right. Pricey kind of thing. Right. It's also like there's not much patrol about it. Like, no, patrol It's just a phone bag with prizes. It's more of a safety patrol. Well, that's the patrol part is yeah. the safety element. Um, yeah, time for a reboot. It'd be funny if Spook Patrol was roaming through the streets. Like, hey, did you trick or treat in your own neighborhood night? Yeah, you have your parents check out your candy? All right, well, here's a $50 savings here's a Here's a Garfield phone. <laughs> here's a year's worth of free haircuts. Limit one per month. It was funny. This Halloween. At a budget haircut. Cost Cutters was like... There was a place in town called Fantastic Sam's. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, so that was a bigger chain? Yes. Fantastic Sam's, you ever hear of that? No, I've not heard of it. That was like a, a haircut place. Um, I, th- this year, so my nephew is like five, and my niece is about to be two. Okay. And so she can like walk and talk, but not sentences, just sort of like she knows a couple words. Right. Mama, Paul, doggy. Yeah. And like a little bit more, yeah, about that, a little yeah. bit more. But it's so funny because she understands what trick-or-treating is, where it's like, got it, we go to the house to get candy, but I have to walk up and do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so like, she would pick and choose the houses where she would like, waddle behind her brother okay. and get there just as he was leaving to get whatever candy. But then it was so cold that like a grown-up, there'd be some houses where she'd go, all done. Which was her way of going, like, not this skip one. one. I'm going to skip this one. Yeah. What was she dressed as? Um, she was, oh, man. What, what, oh, she was Minnie Mouse. Sure. She loves Minnie. They love Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, which, like, blows my mind. My oh. sister's like, I don't know how or why. Was it interesting they about the them? new ones? There's, yeah. a, there's a Mickey Mouse club. Do they watch that? There's yeah, the one that's, like, problem solving. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah. And there are new Mickey Mouse cartoons that people watch. Yeah. That are, like, But it's fun. just so strange that those capture the imagination of kids. And then he was um, Catboy. From whatever it's called. From what? I don't know what. Mask. Oh, PJ Mask. Not a fan. Yeah. My sister isn't either, but he was adamant about it. She's like, okay. Okay. Because sure. they're not a big TV house. So. But still. I bet it's kids at school. Yeah. I don't even understand the premise of PJ Masks. They're yeah. like regular kids who once they have their PJs on they have powers I think so. at night. I think that's It's always the, the same bad guy. I've watched it like twice and I wanted to. Yeah. Although I will say something that's funny about my niece and nephew is that um, like I was babysitting one day like during the day and we're like playing and he like goes and walks away and he comes back and he's just in his pajamas and I was like okay pajama time? He, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I just don't want to wear my clothes anymore. I was like, okay. And then my niece was like, she'll just be sitting there and someone should start taking her clothes off, putting her like pants in the thing, and then putting her PJs on. And just like, okay. But that's like yeah. adults putting on their sweatpants. I know, but I just, I love it. I just love how like, in the middle of the room, they'll just start taking their clothes off. Man, like, yeah, I'm done with these now. Yeah. All I done. All day. She literally should go, all done. And just start <laughs> taking her clothes off. Like, I'm good with this. Thank you. Oh, it's so nice with the no shame. Yeah. My kids this weekend, I got them uh, earmuffs. Okay. Whatever. I'm not a big fan of earmuffs. They don't keep your head warm. They just right. keep your ear warm, and you can't hear. I don't really like them. 
we went to this like consignment store and they both found a pair and they liked them and then she got them all weekend earmuffs nude sleeping with earmuffs eating meals with earmuffs 24-7 earmuffs 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 they just like sleeping with earmuffs and nothing else sleeping with I, I have evidence oh my god it does look, this is a picture of Connor's dad and yeah. it does look like JD whoa not crazy and also, like, the expression on his face. Not just yeah. his face, but the expression on and his face. And also, like, the fact that you're even holding a microphone, like, half of my childhood, I feel yes. like my dad was just holding a microphone <gasps> just like that. This is, oh uh, earmuffs. Uh, that's a little... Oh, my and that's God. not something for work, but naked with earmuffs. That's so funny. Unfortunately, it's a podcast. I'm getting her nebulizer, both kids with earmuffs. What's her nebulizer for? Oh, uh, she says cough. Oh, sorry. Um... Wow. Oh, look at look at baby Connor. Oh, this is an amazing photo. You Wait, have to which post one's that. <laughs> That's me with some monkeys. That's very much what my dad would say as well. So good. There's a really funny clip too of Connor. You had to be like six years old uh-huh. when Connor was one of the kids on the show. Okay. But Connor's dad is trying to play it like just, just one of the kids. Just one of the kids. But Connor is like, you can tell in his eyes, he wants to be like... He wants to be special. Dad. Dad, it's me. Like, don't not acknowledge me, yeah. Oh my god. Did you make that picture? No. <gasps> Look, what are you wearing? I don't know. You're wearing yellow? I will tell the world what you're wearing. Yellow overalls with like a tools, a tool belt on See, them? even just like his lanky movement reminds me of myself. It is yeah. like you. That's like if you had a little puppet. <laughs> Where is your dad today? He's in Missouri. I know. What's he doing? What's he doing right now? He's retired. He's watching TV right now. Yeah. Guaranteed. He's sleeping in front of the TV. He As was a- also one of the. Was it the Compass players? Uh no, that's JD. Yeah, it's not your what dad. Improv team was he? He was in. Um, why am I blanking on it now? Um, One of like the early like it, it was the, primordial improv uh, comedy. The Chicago Extension, which was when Dell Close in 1971 either quit or was fired from Second City. Okay. He started a new right. improv group, and uh, the and my dad was part of that. So Dell yeah. Close was like basically coaching before they were called Herald Teams. He was like coaching my dad in a Herald That's Team amazing. in Chicago. Is he proud of you for yeah. your comedy acting? Yeah, and my acting? parents were like encouraging me to take improv classes for about a decade before I did it. Wow! Like at it, and this rare. Was, rare. Yes. It was before before it had become a thing that people would be like, "Oh, that'll be a good thing to try." They were like, "Why don't you do that?" Like at a point where everyone I knew who was doing it was like, "My parents don't understand what this is." I was like, "My oh, parents like forced me to do this." My parents never <laughs> saw me perform. They've never seen you perform? No. To this day? To this day. Why? Improv. Because they like, just think it's odd? No. Oh, you said that past tense because you feel like your improv days are behind. Yeah. We should do a well, show. Well, listen, once I'm on the monologist side of ASCAT, I, you can't, you go can't back? cross that you line can't go back. back. Of course you can. There's no one... Why is there we... anyone in the history of ASCAT that's been both mon- monologist and performer? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, they're the main UCB founders. They do monologues sometimes, don't they? No. I thought they did. No. Um, Connor, do you, there's no... 
there's no world in which I get back to that performance level that I was at, which at that time wasn't even... You performed at that 20-year reunion thing, the 20-year anniversary That's show. That's true. That wasn't that long ago. Sure, but that was like, uh, these people used to do improv. <laughs> um, I think Can you, you imagine those people that used to do improv? Why don't you and I do a... Do a show. Uh, We've been saying that for years. No. We have not done it. Do an improv no, show? You're yeah, not, just I haven't like, said this ever. Okay. Okay. What well, I'm about to say let's is... Let's hear it. Uh, why don't you and I do uh, a show in Chicago? We'll do like workshops and a show. Why Chicago? Your family. Oh, oh, oh I see. So I see, your I family see. can see you perform. That is a good idea. <laughs> I'll go see that. Everyone to come to Chicago. This is Spook Patrol. And oh, that's you found Spook oh, my Patrol. God. Oh. Hold on. Uh, let me go ahead and I'll play a little bit of. Uh, it's not going to be able to get loud now. It's in loud here. here. There's yeah. no way. But, oh yeah, but it's wait, still I still fun it. to see. Yeah. So there's Batman and Scarecrow. They look like just normal people in... In like a Scarecrow hat. But they're in a sort of spooky... Is that you, Connor? Oh, he's on the phone call. Batman's yeah. calling. Like, is Randy you Schieffer, how's it going? No, I'm not in this. What were you doing? Uh, Trick-or-treating? I don't remember what I would have been doing in that. You're trick-or-treating in another neighborhood. Not safely. Yeah. Um... You can watch all of Spook Patrol on Instagram. Uh, I put up the whole video in my like Instagram TV stories. And that st- it stays there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it looks spooky. <laughs> it's just like the video melting. That is spooky. And Spook Patrol starts at 6 p.m. Halloween night. And your dad produced all this? No, he just showed up he and... He showed up with uh, talent. Yeah, he had nothing to do with the production. Wait, was of he it. Batman? No. That's my dad there. Oh. He's the host of Spook Patrol. Yeah. The MC of Spook Patrol? Yeah. What's his what's his narrative relationship to the spooks? Right. He just keeps talking about how we've we've given away a lot given away a lot of stuff. Taking but a lot like, of how does he interact with the spook? Does he believe that they're Batman or Scarecrow? <laughs> in the world of this thing. Right. Is he like, ooh, Batman, you're gonna have to help us. We got three more like, Garfield phones. Right. I think he just like keeps like, well, here we are. We're still doing this. But that's one of the <laughs> interviews. That doesn't look like it'd be very interesting to anyone, no. right? But it looks spooky. Um, it's not even in front of the spooky background. It really isn't. Um, and you should. Do, that should be your next public access thing. Is Spook Patrol two? Back in the habit. Um, <laughs> um, do we have to start walking you out. Uh, I mean, I can just go get the subway, but you can... Uh... Well, because we're walking out anyways. Okay. That's a good interview, right? Oh, yeah. With like, the clown. clown. She's I like, like this background, this setting. It's just... Because also, that this woman is just like... I think like her name's Beth, and she works in the News Tribune, so she's just talking about Monday right. things, but is dressed in full-on like... I love that. ...clown makeup. Ah, the spook I learned something tonight, and I'm glad. What'd you learn? About Spook Patrol. Yeah. And about Connor's dad. I did not know. Um, yeah, if you look up Bill Ratliff and Showtime on YouTube, okay. uh, you can see a couple of full episodes of, like, all that's, like, survived. We used to have all these tapes, and for years I was like, we need to transfer them. 
Oh. And then we got to a point where it was like, it's impossible to transfer them. Like, no one I, even does it anymore. Yeah, it's on like it's on like um, three beta quarter. Or it's three on like quarter. big. Yeah. But does your dad have I strong? I transfer most of it. Oh. Wait, the kinds that run on those giant machines? Yeah. Those are harder. You can what, do that. Three Really? Yeah. Would, For you free. Think, don't you think those would be disintegrated right now? They're literally like this big. They're like these the giant reels. That, but uh, actually, now you got. You get image and audio. I bet. Hmm. It would be degraded. Right. I might, JD. I might in a minute come back in here and get a beverage. Oh, okay, got it. Or something. Because we should head to Astoria now. Yeah, that's why I might get a beverage. You can get it at uh, Euromart too. You can go back down. Oh, I don't you think Euromart. Here. I just want to look and see what beverages they have. Okay, we can do that. Here. Here. Or, or maybe it's better in a grocery store in Astoria. You don't want to wait in that okay. line. Yeah, let's go to Astoria. Yeah, I don't want to wait in that line. There's some good Astoria places. Which train do you take, Jessica? Um, uh, anything that goes downtown. I'm gonna hop on here. We're gonna walk to the N train. Okay. Oh. NQRW. Um, I'll walk to the N with you. I can take the N. It's gross out. It's gross. It's magical out. It's beginning to. This is the type of rain that was supposed to be snow. Right. Um, Daniel Kibble Smith says hi to you. From oh, great! I just came oh, here from uh, from work. How are oh, yeah, how's going that going? There? The um, last time you were on the podcast, I think you had just started. I think that's about right. Um, it is fun. It's you know, it's a daily show, so you know how that is. Right. We work a daily show. Like it's like the New York Times. Every day is a new day. Right. So if you're a hero and do something amazing. The next day, it's like you just start fresh and you're like everybody else. And also, if you do something bad, right. it doesn't go over great. The next day is a new day and you start fresh. Right. So I like I like that part about it. Is that weird doing field? Like, it's not like you sh- do you shoot something on the day for that day? Sometimes. Wait, Ugh, so that I... Me out. It, it is a little bit stressful. So I... I think when when was the episode that you were on? When did we? It was the long one. It was the one that you waited a long the time. The long one. Yeah, the, they're all long. Uh, um, they're all. That was the, one in January. The one, the January one, where we went into the church. Yeah. So since then, I did that little piece. Oh, that piece turned out great. The yeah, Jeff Goldblum the thing. Jeff Goldblum. You were fantastic piece. in that. And it was, it was one of my, it was one of the easiest and most enjoyable things to do of, of the kinds of. I would say the only, the only thing that came close, and it was done in a nice way. Yeah. And it's something that does happen every now and then. When I'm, <laughs> I made a, I made a joke when I, when I, showed up, which was that this in this video, it was. Uh, it was run tax time. And run was, tax time, yeah. and the idea was that. Why not have Jeff Goldblum do your taxes? And it's like those little helpers that come right. up. Right, it's the like corner. a FaceTime thing with Jeff right. Goldblum, and he'll help you with your taxes. And the joke is, he doesn't really know anything about taxes. He's he just, just wants like, to like chit chat and yeah. wants to like and scat, scat saying and <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And so there were like three different people in this sketch who were like the normal in this piece that were like no, the normal characters that are interacting with him. Yeah. And one of them was like young woman, and another one was named like. Angela or something. It had like a name. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was 
schlubby man. <laughs> oh no. And so when we showed up, I was like. Did you direct us? I did not, my oh. office mate did though. When I, when I showed up, I made fun of them. I was like, by the way, thanks for not changing it to like Derek or Brad or like, yeah. like I, I do appreciate that like, you made sure that I knew that the part I was playing was not like young woman or Angela, it was schlubby man. And they were like, oh yeah, we should, sorry, we should have changed that, like, and, but then the other piece of that was when I went to wardrobe. Yeah. And they were like. Did that uh, really hurt your feelings or were you joking around? I was joking around, I've been hurt worse. <laughs> uh, because honestly, it was such a nice, easy job and everyone yeah. was so nice that, I mean, I've literally been on a set where I, I took a part on a thing where my character was named Pathetic Man. Oh God. And. They didn't, because it it was a featured extra. Yeah. Meaning that it it was like important. They needed like a good actor for it. Right. But there were no lines. Right. And this was a, this was during the same period where I was like, I should get a manager. Right. It was one of like the three or four <laughs> no, things no. that happened in a row. Like, and, and on this, because I was a featured extra, it meant I was on the call sheet, not as myself, but as pathetic man, down lower on the call sheet, not with the actors, but with just like any other like background. Wait, yeah. how and how far away in time is this from the pimp lying down in Times Square? Situation? Within the same four month period, I okay. think. And but people wouldn't call me by my name on my side. They were like, "We need pathetic man." And no. I would like, I would like come over. And I'm here. And it's horrible. But I had a similar thing, which is so when I'm at when I was at Late Show and I went for the wardrobe and they were like, uh, they're like, we need something that's like, this guy's like, I don't know what they said, but there was like a moment that was like, actually what you're wearing is fine. Oh no, you're and, just sloppy enough. Yeah, and I was like, they were like having a conversation like, we need it to be like a guy who's like this, who's like that. And then they looked at what I was wearing and like, actually I think, I think what you're wearing will be fine. I was like, okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Uh, But the actual experience of doing it, it was so easy and nice. Mm -hmm. And it was over so quickly that I was like, I was like, that is, like, if, if that kind of thing happened more often, I would be in heaven because it would just be like. Yeah, it's a network show. It's, yeah, it's, it's on a show that it's like, I'm proud to be associated with. It's a show that people see. So like, it's one of those things that there were like more people who were like, oh, I was watching this and then you were on, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. Right. And, and it really didn't feel like work. What I was doing was just like, and also it was like a, it felt like a good use of me in mm-hmm. the sense that like, uh, they had me react, and I did. And the, you did a great job. You I did what was, I did what was written, and there were like, there's like a couple of beats that were improvised in it, and that that was like fun, but it really like didn't feel like work in a way that I was. I was because for some reason I thought it would be more work than other similar gigs, and it was actually far less. No, they're very organized. But now we're, and we're colleagues, you and I now. Yeah, we are. Yeah, coworkers. Exactly. Right? Uh, truly. Right? Yes. We worked on the same show. Worked on the same show I the same on day. It, I worked on it 
less we're, than you did. We're all colleagues here. We are. We've all worked on We've different worked projects together. Together. And that's how we know each other. And someday we'll all work together on the same thing. Then we go to Chicago for your workshop. We filmed yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, improv show for your parents. Exactly. And as you develop, uh, all my friends are dead. We'll work on oh, all. They animated. I think it's going to be animated. Could be puppets. Yeah. With the dinosaurs and your friend. Yeah, perfect. Look at this Carnegie Hall. Logan Avery. There it is. Has anybody yeah, has anybody with you. has anybody done a show yet called the Cancelled Show? No, but it's a good idea. I mean it has now it's a more fraught title. It feels like it's one of those things like yeah. it has a greater it's it's a funnier title three years ago than it would be. It's still now. people it's still, still cancel shows, but it's because then you're like, I'm gonna go watch the cancelled show. Well how can you? Yeah. And um, it's but like, I also feel like it's it's leans into it in a way that it'll end up it would end up running for a decade or more. Right. See, it's I had proof. an idea that was what you were saying, which was everyone, you create a channel that's like the purgatory channel yeah. for everybody who's been, who's been, uh, oh, you're saying for actual like people. Yes, for people like, who the well, culture is decided they're not interested in. Yeah. And it's a place that like to watch it, you have to pay like a thousand dollars a month or something and it all goes to charity. And that's the only place where they, it's like the minor league, you have to work your way back into the. Like once a year, people get to vote to like bring you back. No, they, they vote. <laughs> they vote on who they want to give. Once a year, there's like what's called the apology slot. Yeah. And you vote to get, see who you want to give that a slot to, and then they have they have an option to apologize. Yeah. And no one may ever get out of there, but it's just the opportunity <laughs> to have a platform to apologize. Whatever idea. Wrong. Some people they'll never make it out. Yeah. They're just stuck in purgatory. Exactly. This is, and this is a network. Is it a streaming service? Yeah, yeah, it's a network. I think it's got to be linear. It's, it's a network? It's a broadcast <laughs> analog network. Yeah. There's a signal. Yes. Uh, it's not digital. You have to get an old yes. antenna. Yes, yes, it has to be antenna. It doesn't come cable. <laughs> it doesn't come through that. you got to rig up the equipment for yeah. it. And it still somehow costs $1,000. Um, what? How many shows are on this channel? I think... Uh, as, as many shows as there are. <laughs> on a regular network? No, as there are people who... Oh, great, great. Because there's got to be one show that's called Purvatory, that's specifically perverts. That's like Nick at that's Night. That's the night time. <laughs> yeah, like... you're watching Purvatory on Purgatory. Dude, here's the He's sad... got the branding down, that's Here's good. the sad, sick part, though. Yeah, this that, is a great it idea. It would probably be a hit. great numbers. Yeah. yeah, and they'd be like... People would be like, I love Purvatory. That's the only thing I watch, and you know who I voted for, too. I know. <laughs> Oh, what a dark world. Yeah. What if you sell ideas sell ideas out of this podcast? Who owns this intellectual property? I think you do. And, yeah. Any guest owns. <laughs> yes. Any, any, guest. any guest can claim ownership of any idea that we espouse on this podcast. What we do is we bury all the ideas in an envelope in um, Central Park, and whichever guest gets them first gets that idea. I like that. Yeah. I told you to add a game show element. I think it's we should it. add a game show element. 12-hour game? Yeah. I'm just like, hours of um, I also. People would have to listen to the whole twelve hours to find certain things, certain idea. facts. Yeah. Well, we've only got thirty-eight episodes left. Yeah. 
You could have a quiz afterwards. You could have a quiz, and whoever listened to all 12 hours, could, they can answer, like, what is you could control? Do a, you could do a 12-hour quiz podcast. Okay. So it's like own spinoff, <laughs> that it's all trivia of 12, About 12, 12 hours. Yeah. All right, 12 heads. It's like the after my 12 show. Heads. I like the idea of a quiz show where the first six hours is questions, and then the second six hours is, now let's go through the answers to all the questions. It's six hours. So by the time you get right, it's like you've clearly forgotten. Yeah, where it's right. like the first question is, which president uh, established the American and highway you, system? And, is it? And then you have four <laughs> answers. And then six hours later, you're like, and now let's go to the answers. The answer to question one was President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Question two. And I think you don't even say A, B, C, or D yeah. is the answer. You're like, it was Dwight Eisenhower. So like they have to write down the full answer. And at the end, you have them tally up their score. And yeah. you're like, if you got zero to five questions correct, you are part of our oh, round member. Yeah. Um, there should be a big prize. Yeah. Garfield phone. Yeah, a, big, a big Garfield a, phone. A year's worth of free haircuts from <laughs> J.D. and Connor. One a month. Limit, and you can, get, month. you can get more than one a month. No, yeah, a year's worth of Garfield phones. A year's worth of... One, a year's supply of Garfield telephones. And it's 12 Garfield <laughs> telephones. As if, because we all burn through our phones <laughs> once a month. These are burner phones, but they're also land. <laughs> these are burner the phone landline right? phones. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how the purgatory works. It's a landline telephone that you listen to. You pick up and listen to. You have to call on a landline phone. But it's a Garfield phone. Yeah, and you have to dial. You have to dial in the real- ID number of the person who you're contacting. You're trying to. Listen I don't know to. for what, but I do like the idea of someone in a TV show treating their landline phone like a burner. So like they like, they like break the receiver in half. And they smash the phone. But it's funny because and then like it's, hooks it. Yeah, it's, it's the same no, number. It's the same one. That's why it's funny. That's why it's funny. I just like the idea of someone who's like a criminal who, after every phone call, destroys their landline phone and then plugs in a new one. It's like it's like destroy this. Yeah. Man. Take it away, boss. That's not how it was. Destroy it. That's great. What are you wearing a wire? <laughs> There's also so much more work to destroy a, a landline phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that. They just got like I got dozens of these. All right, boys. Okay. I'm gonna unclip. Thank All right. you, Jessica. Always a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having this twelve-hour day. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas, Christmas. I'm sure. Happy holidays. All right, and I'll see you at the Chicago Improv Workshop situation. Hey, what do you think of this idea? There's another idea, and tell me if you you have a name for it. JD has a great idea for a thing that is a... (laughs) Clip back in, Justin. No, not clipping. It's a comedy festival that is for New York and L.A., but it happens in where in Kansas? Like around Wichita. Like the most central spot? Yeah, so New York and L.A. come together, and it's like a weekend of like shows and workshops and concerts and games and socializing. But not in Chicago. No, because you want to go to the middle. So it's Absolutely. either Middle Fest, it's fair. That's more middle fest yeah. or it could be called Middle Brow, yeah. or uh, uh, Flyover Fest, mm-hmm. or Equifest. what was the other? Equifest, Center, Center Fest, uh, Center Con. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any pitches for names for this? No, I'm going to work like on the it. Do you like the idea of it? I like the idea a lot. So I would we go. all fly and once yeah. a year meet up and just like... And it's a place where nothing's ha- nothing like this is happening. Right. So we are the ones who make it happen. And it's in the middle of a cornfield? Yeah, or like we rent corn, out a farm. Corn, corn con? 
Corn that con. sounds like we're stealing a bunch of corn from someone. Yeah, but Comic Con isn't a big place where we steal comics. And people they steal money. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We'll work on that one. Okay. All right, All right guys. Thank you, Jessica. Would you do middle middle <laughs> brow? <laughs> She's trying to go home to her family. Though. Yeah, but All would right. you be a would you do a panel? Sure. All right. Okay. Wonderful. wonderful. All right. You go one way or the other, right? We're going uptown. We're going uptown. I'm going downtown. I think, I think you're that, that way. way. Okay. I could be wrong. Farewell. Bye. Right? We did it right? Yeah, we did it right. All right. Uh-oh. Um, We're about to miss her. No, nah, I don't think so. Go, go, go. Ah, oh, we missed her. The closest way you could miss it, too. Yeah. Sometimes when you miss it, it's not that bad. That yeah. was doors right in our face. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I probably could have made it. Yeah. And then we would have been in a lot of trouble. Not a lot. Enough. What would you have done? I would have just had to record solo and text you to meet me somewhere. I would have, here's what I would have hoped if that happens again, or something similar, that you would go one stop and get out and wait for me to be on the next train at the next spot. So, yeah. Okay, that's our rule if that ever happens to us. Yeah. But it only works with trains. It doesn't work with other kinds of things. Okay, take a deep breath. Oh, Okay, you can let it out. All right. That was fun. It was very fun. Um, and now, I'm glad I did this bag. This bag works better. You like it? Yeah. Because um, look at how fast I was able to transfer. I can transfer between mics very quickly. Are you more or less likely to see Chicago the Musical after a year of transit Wi-Fi ads for Chicago? I literally... Oh, I see, I don't do transit Wi-Fi. Why? I didn't know it existed. That's how you get Wi-Fi when you're in the subway. Really? What do you do? Transit wireless Wi-Fi. That's the like subway Wi-Fi. Oh yeah. But what it does is it shows you, or maybe it shows you a different thing. It shows me the ad for Chicago. Sometimes it's for Bloomberg. And then it says, "You watch this ad. It's like seven seconds." And then it says, "Do you want more information?" Or the other thing it says, "Just take me online." Yeah. And I do believe it's that tone. Just take me online. Right. And. The good thing about it is, like, if you get on the Wi-Fi at this station, then on your train ride, it'll sort of keep you logged in even as you lose the signal. Oh, that's cool. So, like, you might lose it between stations, but when you arrive at the next station, your Wi-Fi will be available the second it becomes available again. Oh, see, I've never done that. And, but frequently what will happen is... People hack and steal your data. No, I will be logging onto the Wi-Fi, and then it will say... Watch this ad first. And then it will say, uh, it will be counting down like, you can connect in seven, six, five, four, three, two, and then I'll lose the signal. Right. And then it'll be like, I I have to start over. Like, when I get it again, right. it'll be like, it's like you never, it doesn't, you bank, never it doesn't it, yeah. bank those seconds. Um, That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about McClunky? What? McClunky. McClunky? What's McClunky? Oh, I get to tell you about this? Yeah. This is so much fun. I'm glad I get to tell you about this. You're now like, 
you are now effectively a point of view character that someone would add into a screenplay to be like, we need someone who doesn't know this could be like, wait, how does it... Is this a social media thing? Yeah, well, that's where you would have heard about it, maybe. Okay. But it, now you're now the character's like, wait, what does CTC stand for? It's the counterterrorism. Right. Like, you're the character who doesn't that's know. That's what it was. That was the yeah. counterterrorism commission. And uh, so on day one of Disney+, Plus, okay, people go to watch the Star Wars movies, and somebody realizes that the Greedo scene has been changed again. What? So for a brief period that day, everyone's like, Disney changed it. Only to find out, as journalists and other people dug into it, they get a statement. They were like, Disney says, we didn't change it. This is what Lucas gave us back in uh, 2011. But whenever whenever we bought Star Wars, this was the version he gave us. So he must have done one last change when they were doing the 4K um, conversions. We don't take this? Yeah, we take this. All right. He must have done one last change. Wait, so what happens? I'm going to tell you. You're going to love this. I guess, you remember when a few years ago they did these three, they did a 3D release of the Phantom Menace in yeah. theaters, and they were going to do all of them, but that one was like disappointing. Yeah. They did it in the wrong order. They started with the one that... Uh, right, and it was like the cutout 3D and 3D that like, yeah. it just isn't the way to yeah. do it. Um, but that's not the movie you start with if you want to get people excited right. about seeing Star Wars in the theater. And I guess they had done a 4K like polish on all the movies to get it ready for these 3D versions that didn't happen. And I that think. would be really easy to turn 3D. It would be really hard to turn the other ones 3D. Right. Because that one already has everything digital anyways. So I guess at the time, this is what the, this is what they've said officially, is that Lucas um, did one last change to the scene. Just the way he did for the Blu-rays. He changed them for the Blu-rays, he changed them for DVD, and then he changed them for the special issues. He's changed right. that scene several times. So there was the original original version where Han shoots first, Greedo doesn't shoot at all. Yeah. A classic, real version. Then there was a special edition where Greedo shoots first. And Han. And the Han responds. Yeah. Then I guess for the DVD and maybe for the Blu-ray, they tightened it up, the timing a little bit, so that the shots are a little bit closer together. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe even for Blu-ray, they have it where they're shooting at basically the same time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now, for this final Lucas version of it, uh, all of Greedo's dialogue is subtitled, except for, he says, uh, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And Han Solo goes, well, I bet you have. Quick cut to a close-up of Greedo, taken from the other footage or whatever, and Greedo goes, Maklonky. And then instantly, back to the the wide two shot, where Han and Greedo shoot at the same time, and Han does a weird little shimmy to the side. Like, a, they do a digital right. thing that makes Han, like, do a little shoulder Dodge move. Yeah. So he dodges the shot as what, at the same time that he's firing. And Servant's like, what does McClunky mean? What does McClunky mean? What does McClunky mean? And then someone f- realized that McClunky, or something that sounds like that, is what Sebulba yells, I think maybe before the pod race. Right. Yells my funky. Right, I and remember it means that. something like, I'm going to get you. Here, we'll skip over here. It's something along, I'll, I'll look at right. it, but it's something along the line, it's threatening. So the thinking is that Lucas, this was his final little compromise, which is that because Rita's basically saying, I'm going to 
gets you. Right. That motivates Han to sh- shoot because he said McConkey. And they also have him like dodge it. Yeah. So that it's like he's cool because it's not that because everyone didn't like that when Greedo shot first because it's like it was just an accident. Yeah. He could have shot Han, no problem. Yeah. And it looks That's, weird. It, it's like it, it doesn't look like yeah. a good movement. Oh my god. So weird. It's great. Why? Also is the question I still ask. McConkey. And he says it like clear as day, like McConkey. Sounds like that. McConkey. But it's pretty, Is it subtitle? No, that's the thing. That's why everyone was like lost their mind on the day that Disney Plus came. Also, there were people who were like, I see this. People, several people made the observation that they're like, George Lucas planted a time bomb seven years ago. That right. Disney released a new, the first ever new, the first ever live right. action Star Wars TV show, and all anybody can talk about yeah, is the monkey. Right. It's beautiful. Oh, sorry. That's amazing. It's so funny. But, like, he knew that he was going <laughs> to... Like, that this is some kind of, like, conspiracy theory. That it's like, oh, he knew that this was going to happen. Eventually, he would, like, steal their thunder where it's like, people still like the original stuff better. It's like, yeah, people are just still... They, you can make a new show, but you, you can't compete with the McClunky. People still... All the buzz is about one... I wrote one word, and it got more excitement oh. than your $15 million episode. Oh my god, what a weird... It's also a classic bit of Lucas writing. Mokvonky. It's also like, why that phrase? Mokvonky. Why... (laughs) Why do any of it, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to gain from anything in the process. When you watch The Mandalorian... Yeah, let's get over here. Yeah, when you watch it, the thing that I hope you like from it is... There's one sequence in particular in the second episode. Am I going? I have to see this now. I'll show it to you once we once we ever can hear it. I guess I have to sign up for Disney Plus when I get back to my place. The the thing there's a sequence in the second episode. I think you'll really the first episode is really good, but I think you'll love the second episode because the second episode is a little bit different pacing. Like it would right. it, and it reminds me a little bit of how so much of of Empire Strikes Back is kind of like yeah. just dealing with things going wrong in a way that's a little bit funny and that is like like I like the part where they're like just trying to where they're just trying to hide and they're like in the monster's mouth and stuff like that where they're just kind of like things are just not going right where it almost feels like is this supposed to be the movie like it feels like we spent half the time just trying to like hide and get away or whatever right. but there's stuff that feels like uh just funny and weird stuff going wrong in this like crazy world that I feel like a lot of that has gotten lost in the uh, some of the world building of Star Wars takes away the things I like about it which were the kind of dipping your toe into like this is a weird place it's full of weirdos right and you see them and it's like we're never going to explain to you why there's like a devil man here right or a wolf man or whatever it's just like it's a crazy planet right and I don't need to know too much more than that whereas now I think in all the movies they're like well this is how they work and this is careful that's a devil man yes he's from the devil planet yeah and uh, it's just goofier than I like it a little bit goofy 
Well, that's why I always, that's what I think was fun about it was like when they had like the essential guide to characters, yeah. the books, they had a font mon. What was that? Which he was like just like an elephant man. Yeah. That was like in Jabba's palace. Yeah. And it was like, he wasn't supposed to be a character that had a backstory or a history or anything. No. And that's certainly not his name. Well, that's why I always... It's like Droopy McCool. Same thing. I always like liked that... Walrus Man being called Walrus Man instead of... What's he, what do you call him? Who? The one who has, it looks like he has a butt in his mouth. My friend doesn't like you. Oh. Uh, Dr. Avan. No, not the doctor. Who's the guy who's like... Rrr, rrr, rrr. Uh... Walrus Man is what he was called on the Kenner toy, and then they gave him a name that was like... Right, what is his name? I, I never can't think remember. Of it. But it's like... I always liked him being called Walrus Man. Yeah. Uh, well, that's... I have the same thing, like... So, like, Droopy McCool. Which one is that? He's the guy that his face looks like a scrotum in the Max Rebo band. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly, Droopy McCool was like a name that like they came up with on set you know right. what I mean of like just like in shorthand referring to this character they built yeah. and then that becomes lore in a way that's like what so you're saying this guy's name is Droopy what's his name Panda Baba. Baba and I just always liked that they someone at the toy, toy company was like this guy's walrus man but what's also funny is it's like never in the Star Wars universe until then was the naming convention used that's just something man yeah <laughs> I mean like that's just not <laughs> how Star Wars works and I would yeah but it's all it's also like how seriously yeah it's just that thing of it it's supposed to be fun yeah uh I'm telling Tom we're on our way. Which grocery store are we going to go to? It's up to you. Uh, what are you in the mood for? Groceries. Looking for like a soda kind of thing? I don't know, maybe. Looking for a drink. I'm thirsty. Okay. Um, but any place will be fine. Where's the place we went? Did we go to someplace before? Uh, what'd you get? I can't remember. I just can Other than Euromart, I have trouble remembering what grocery store. Yeah, there's a couple good grocery stores around. We'll go to a grocery store. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I got to tell you about my monkey. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. That's so funny. Yeah, that's the thing, is being off all of that stuff, I don't know any of it. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh... You know how, like, we were, I was talking to you a while ago about the idea of uh, someone should do another, like, holiday special. Yeah. John Favreau, in some interview, said he's actively trying to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, of course. It's full on raining now. It doesn't full on. Yeah. No, but look where it's not light. But look at the water. The water's not moving at all. Well, you see the water with the light? Yeah, but look down at the puddle. Yeah, well, you can't see it. There isn't any. Right, so is it full-on raining or is it not? It's full-on raining. But it's not causing droplets. Not yet. So it's not full-on. More than it was. True. You know, it's something that I think about a lot. What? 
like it happened today. It was raining when we were on the train here. Yeah. And when we got off in Manhattan. And I can never tell. Oh, is it because it's raining in Queens and not Manhattan? Or is it because the time that it took on the subway meant that it just stopped raining? No, no. Not unless you have a friend. But who has those? You have McConkey. to have a friend in the right place. <laughs> McConkey is very funny. McConkey. <laughs> and it's like probably spelled in some way in the Star Wars universe that's like yeah. in his mind but the fact that it can be like boiled down to McClunky is very yeah. funny this now. Um. The next stop is... This is the part of the podcast where J.D. and Connor get quiet. We have to. Why? It's just that time of the podcast. Yeah. Um. Oh. I've officially passed my uh, living in New York longer than anywhere in my life point. Congratulations. Thank you. What year did you move? Uh, 2006. Here since 2002. Uh, I think I'm around that point. Yeah. Like I was in Missouri from 75 to it's the end of 95, so we're coming on close on it. Right. And it's weird that the from 95 to 2002 is the only during that period I lived in Liverpool and London and Oregon yeah and that it's weird when you get to a certain point where chunks of your life that felt longer at the time now feel like well that's just like a blip like when you think about like 
like that that thing that's always like, well, the Beatles were only together this long, or whatever. Like, that's not very long at all. And you try to you try to compare that to like a band that got together yeah. in 2002 has been together twice as long as the Beatles, or, right? You know, and it's like that seems crazy. You know that like that like the Killers have been a band for like double yeah. the length of time as the Beatles. It feels like a right. It feels like somehow wrong. Yeah, it feels you know, like yeah. Uh, or like you do the thing where like yeah college seems like such a seminal part of your life and then you realize it's just a few years that yeah like that we've been doing this podcast for <laughs> longer than that yes <laughs> feels like... We just went down new stairs. New stairs, but it's all redesigned. And I have to say, maybe more than any other, like, subway station in New York that I have experienced, it reminds me of something that I would expect to see in, like, Europe. Like, there's a feeling to it that feels like a designer made a lot of decisions about it, you know? Yeah. Like, it feels like... And I don't know if that's... I know there have been, there have been like, um, there's been a lot of controversy lately where I see people saying about the MTA putting in cameras and more cops to try to catch like fair, like stall jumpers. And right. Like, and people are like, why don't you spend this money on improving the the trains and the making it making the system better overall rather than targeting these like small dollar yeah. offenders. And I don't know if there, if that's, I haven't done enough research to know whether that's just a thing that people are, you never know sometimes whether well, their data a, is like, their they, experience of, yeah. Well, and also the MTA is saying that it's actually like $50 million a year. Right. And so if they spend $3 million to make $40 million or whatever, right, right. it was worth it. Right. Uh, so you know, but you never know how much of it is optics and how it actually might be like, right. this could help or, you know. Yeah. Uh, we can save that money and then spend that money on something well, else. Well, that's why we're all upset here is because all of our subway stations were down for about eight months. And so it was we very all, inconvenient. And when they came back, there were it was only cosmetic. So it, it looks nicer, but there's no actual experience. They didn't fix the trains. They gave one extra exit to us. Right. But other than that, it's... It looks sharp. It just looks good, and that's it. But there, you're saying there's no real benefit... No. The, tra- the trains will not run better because of the sit- whatever they did here. So you give a big thumbs down to these changes? Yes. And? Because it inconvenienced us for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, and it was massively inconvenienced here. You were having to, like... Uh, Walk a whole station of distance. And you know what they did? What? They changed the backstops into these, like, hip chain link fence things. Yeah. But they're... Open. Open. So the wind blows through them and the rain blows through them. So it's an aesthetic choice made by someone who didn't stop to think. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of things like that, uh, like decision-making things like that when I was working right. at Barnes & Noble where someone would be like, we're going to change the signs so oh, they're here. like this or something. And yeah. be like, 
Well, if you worked here for even a day, you'd know that that doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like somebody made a decision that I want all the new hardcovers to be all separate. I'm like, well, do you know how this works? If you talk to anyone who works here, you'd know that your theoretical right. decision when you actually implement it makes the store a worse experience for people who want to come here and buy books. What are you in search for? I'm not sure. You know, like I'm in that, I'm in that moment between discovery and disgust. Got it. I don't know. What am I looking for? I might be looking for the, speaking of disgust, I might be looking for the exact thing that you can't stand. Right. I might get some street tacos on the way back. Some what? Tacos. Yeah. I actually bought this because I was curious. What is it like? I didn't have it yet. I have one at home. I've never seen it before, so I'm inclined to... Try it. Try it. Maybe. Baja. McClunky. McClunky. Still in search. I, I was, I'm not done looking, you know? Got it. How would you feel? There's the soups over here. How would you feel if I got a microwavable meal? Well, you own a microwave, I don't. Yeah. I thought that's what you're looking at. How'd you feel if you what? I don't know. What are you in search of? If I knew that. You have something maybe. on your mind. But I don't know what it is until I see it, you know? Like, sometimes I, I like being in a grocery store because you can discover a thing that you're like, Right. Halibut, I'll have a fish. Right. You know? Sure. Are you looking for fish? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I might get... A classic Conor... Oh, I thought you were going to do a classic Conor Ratliff bag of apples. No, I ate some of these blueberries. You're very good about your fruit. Try to be. I do like it. I feel like blueberries are a, a good fruit because they're not too so much up? fun. You know? Yeah. Nobody ever had too much fun eating a blueberry, you know? Yeah, I hear you.
Here's a Pepsi man. Oh, yeah, Coke, but these like zero sugar things. Hello. How are you? I'm gonna throw this on your thing. Yeah. yeah. I'll just give you money. It's on the house, JD. Connor, it's just. JD, it's on the house. Thank you. And you know what they say about the house, right? It's Big Mama's. Always wins. You hear that noise? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That means, that means everything in this bag now belongs. To me. I gift you the one you wanted. Oh, thank you. I give it to you. Um, here, let's take a left turn real quick. Take a what? Left turn real quick. And? I'm going to get taco truck. Getting? I'm going to go taco truck. Get a taco little truck. quick get a bite. Little, get a little quick bite at the taco truck. A quick bite at the taco truck. Quick bite at the taco truck. Are you a cookie person? Oh, we're near that place? Yeah. Are they open? They probably are. Unfortunately, I am a cookie person. Should we go get them? Yeah. We'll do that. It's going. Can I just do uh, three carnitas tacos? Just no hot sauce. And I'll be back in a couple minutes. Thanks. What's that? I want to come back. Do you want to go there? Yeah. They're so good, but they're so not Bad. good for you. Yeah. Um, I like Astoria. Yeah. I find it like a calm place. Now, did we go in this cookie place before? Did we go in this cookie place before? Or did we just go near it? I think we went near it. Because if you had one? I don't know. I must have. They're like... No, Gigantic. No, we got to cross this way. No, we're, it's right here. Oh, that's the place? Yeah. Why did I think that was the place? That's an ice cream place. Oh. I feel like we... They were closed when we came by here. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think that's true. That's why I feel like I... I, I feel like you didn't have one. I feel like you just told me about them. Yeah. Or maybe I had them at my apartment. These will be on me. Said, that, that guy who was walking by said something about, like, that's diabetes in a bag or something. Yeah. Is he talking about these cookies? 100%. All right. Oh, gosh. It smells so good. Hello. Hello. How are you? Doing well. Great. Do you know what you want to go with? I mean, I want them all. Can I have one of the triple chocolate and one of the oatmeal apple pie? Yeah. And then can you add a chocolate chip and a white chocolate macadamia to that? Sure. Yeah, please. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are interested. If you got another cookie, you can get another one for free. I think four. Like a death warrant. I think four will do us. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like, it sounds like you don't care about our well-being. Uh, I wouldn't go We do have another deal where if you order another cookie, we'll give you another cookie. And then if you order another cookie, we'll give you another cookie. And it doesn't stop until you stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Thank Actually, you so much. I told him before, if you buy 15 cookies, you can get three more for free. And that's what? Wow. Surprising. Do you need a bag? Uh, yeah, that would be great. Okay. If you buy 150 cookies, <laughs> we'll give you 33 cookies. And you're like, what? Yeah. All right. If you give us the keys to your house, we'll just keep giving you cookies. Thank you so much. How are we going? You're going to have to take a cookie home. You're, I, you're not, there's no way you're going to get through one of these and be like, oh, yeah, I'll have another. You don't know me, J.D. <laughs> Although the I will. Problem is, the problem is I'll eat all four of these cookies and hate myself immediately. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. There are so many nights where I have gotten two cookies and been like, one for today and one for tomorrow, and then that night eaten both and been like, why did I do this to myself? Because um, it is like, so, it is so thick. Um, the closest thing to these cookies that I could say is, have you been to Levain? No. Levain is sort of near the Beacon Theater. And it is, it's, it's another one of those New York City places where... Uh, Test JD. Test Connor. We're good. It's one of those places where very often there's a long line. It's a tiny little place, but right. you can just tell that everybody's like, I got to get these Levain's. Right. And... The uh, like I can't tell from that triple chocolate we got. It looked like there were some white colored chips. Yeah, or, it's white chocolate. Okay, one of my favorite things is like a, a dark kind of chocolate, like a fudgy cookie with peanut butter chips. They have a side of. Oh, you put um, a chocolate berry. Yeah, that's the inside of it. Okay, thank you. And they have like a chocolate with right. peanut butter chips cookie. But it's the same sort of thing where they're these, these like little, like they look like you've shaved the top off a small planet. Right. Uh, in some ways they resemble the top of a muffin more than they resemble right. a, a, a cookie as we think of it. Right. And they're great. They're, they're so good. But they're just so much. They're a lot, yeah. JD buying his taco now. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, boss. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. I mean, I and I found that what? those are things like that are how I treat myself. Right. But I can very easily because that's how I treat myself, end up doing it a lot more than I want to. Yeah, I feel like I... I have a sugar... I've talked about my sugar addiction, right? Yeah. Where, like, literally, like, sometimes I will go and get dinner, and as I'm walking home, I'll be listening to a podcast, and I'll look up, and I'll have noticed that I have walked into a bakery without consciously thinking about it. Right. And I will not want to be there because I do not need to have another, like, treat of some sort. But, like, my body so craves it that yeah. I cannot stop myself. But you've still got that really good metabolism. I feel like every year my metabolism is slowing to the point where uh, I treat myself 
and and then I'll justify it. Like I'll do that thing where I'll like I'll buy several like nooses, which is like right. the yogurt that is closer to an ice cream than a yogurt yeah. in terms of its effect on you and its calorie count. It's like right. eating a Big Mac, and because it's just like creamy and sugar and just yeah, and I love it. But I will buy what I will justify to myself is like, well, I'm doing grocery shopping for the week. These are days worth of nooses. Yeah. And then I'll find myself late into the evening eating a noose and then be like, I'll have the other noose. And I'll be like, that way I have one left for tomorrow. Right. And I'll be like, you know what? There's no point in just keeping one. Might as well eat it. Right. Treat myself. I do that constantly. Yogurt. Well, so my metabolism is slowing down. And I think it's also, it might be a product of being on Zoloft as well. Uh-huh. Um, is that I've g- gained weight not in the like, I don't think that a person who doesn't know me would see me and be like, they would still just think I was skinny. Right. But I have, I think visibly, I'm no longer like emaciated like I used to be. Well, that's the thing is though that you were probably always at a point where I used to have to drink like calorie shakes yeah you were you to could not afford, die you could afford to have some more calories yes and you know which is also not a great place to be you know where you're like underweight and yeah because when you get sick it just like your body dies yeah well what was so interesting too is because Zoloft chemically also does do some things that causes you to retain some weight a little bit more right, right but also someone made a good point to me too that they're like the other thing is when you are anxious the last thing you want to do is eat and for me that was always a stress point right and now that i am way less anxious i'm way less stressed about eating and so i eat more as well right. so it's like a double whammy yeah and i'm now into my 30s and so my metabolism is Naturally. slowing down Naturally. just a little bit yeah There's, there's now, a cool scene here yeah. uh, at this little park where uh, they were doing those uh, summer movies uh-huh. and they're playing um, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Co- not Rebel Without, no. Um, what's the one with Pony Boy? Stay Gold, Pony Boy. Tom Cruise, the movie. The what? Movie of Tom Cruise, Stay Gold, Pony Boy. Tom Gun? No, the one where they're like rebellious kids. Taps? Thank you. There we go. The Outsiders. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, And it was just so fun because it was uh, a bunch of people all just like gathered on the fences sitting everywhere watching The Outsiders. It's like such a strange movie for like a community of people to all watch together. Uh I don't know. I like those little moments. I like that that whole park series. We've now walked outside for long enough that the the drizzling has become to like accumulate to the point where like when we get inside like our hair will be all wet. You My know? shoes are wet right now. Yeah. Um I always feel weird walking to your house this way. Oh why? I don't know. It's just because that's I always go the one way. So I've only really done this a couple of times and it's with you. Oh, right. 
I've never. So um, this this is the way that I always go, and you want to know why? Why? Is because when I walk underneath the train, mm -hmm. sometimes the train will come and be super loud. So I'm listening, listening to a podcast or talking on the phone, it'll ruin that. Yeah. And so I go this way so that I, it's all quieter. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, here. I want to show you something. Yeah. So there's this thing that I've started doing that is a little strange. Yeah. But I've been probably doing it for a year. There's this window over here uh -huh. where there's this old man that sits in the window. And usually it's open in the summers. Right. And he sits right there watching TV. And I don't know why I start doing it. But every time I walk by, I look and I go, hi, Roger. And he'll sort of look at me. And now it's just a, every time I pass it. Because, you know, when someone's outside your window, you can definitely hear them. Yeah. So I just say hello to him. And he's always there. Is his name Roger? No, I have no idea who he is. Which window? I'll show it to you. It's literally at eye height. You've been doing it for a year? This one coming up. Oh, it looks like the lights are off. It's this window usually. Yeah. I go, hi, Roger. He's out. He's out. Oh. No, I'm bummed that he wasn't there. What? I'm bummed that he wasn't there. That's rare. Maybe when it rains, he goes outside. See, you know what's interesting? What? That you like the cold, uh -huh. but I like the rain. I like the rain too. I. But see, I love the rain. Yeah. I like being out in it. I would walk. Sometimes when it's like this, yeah. I will walk all the way home from wherever I am into Queens. Yeah. Just because I, 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 I find rather, it soothing. I would rather walk in this rain than walk in any kind of summer weather. I think. I would like. I'd rather walk in this rain than almost any weather. There's a stick that's been stuck in the power lines for about five years. No one can get it down because it's too risky. I honestly think that's probably true. And look, look how it's like hooked itself over. Why, yeah, why risk it? It's not hurting anybody. No. It doesn't change the power. Those boards don't work on water. Yeah, unless you got power. Over time. Ooh. I think my... Oh, no. Over time, everybody's kind of grown to like that. Well, Netflix has sent me something. A DVD? Probably. A little red envelope? Were we the ones talking about this? No. No, it was uh, on Blank Check, me and David Sims. Uh -huh. We're talking about how um, there's this sort of interesting thing that happens, especially now that we're seeing it take place where... Um, Companies are taking their properties offline so that, like, you can't. There's movies that, like, you can't watch anywhere anymore. Mm -hmm. That were like, there's sort of this interesting thing where there's these streaming services that during award season will send their movies on DVD mm -hmm. to union members right. for voting. Yeah. And so it's really funny because, like, I have all these shows on DVD that were never released on DVD. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, like, I would like to have, and I keep hoping, I don't know what the odds are that, like, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs will ever come out right. in, like, a Criterion with any, like, supplements or something. Because right. it's a movie that really should. But I have it on DVD. Yeah. 
I have a bunch of those here. Let, let me see what the funnier ones are. Uh, I wish, I mean, like, there are ones that I would like to have, but what I, di- like, what I didn't like is that some of them you'd get, like, just, like, some episodes of them, you know? Right. Okay, wait, Connor, don't come in here. I'm not coming in. Okay. I won't come in. I won't come in. I won't come in. Jenny's just looking for DVDs. That's all he's doing. And he doesn't want me to see what he's preparing as a little surprise for me. He just wants me to stay in the other room. Not do anything. <coughs> so that's what I'll do. I'm sorting through them to see if I'm going to be more in the team. Because it would be a team. I don't mind the wait. I got time. I'll wait all night if I have to. Okay. Baby. I'll plug this stuff in. Um. Let's see if we're still rocking. We're still rocking. Recording is operational. Yeah, everything's good. This has gone splendidly. This goes out here. This goes out here. Um, Connor, take a deep breath for a second. Okay. Okay. All right. And we're back. We're back. Wait, talk. Talking. Talking. Is your mic in a weird place now? No, my mic is right here. Are you sure it's not in a weird place? It's right up top of my shirt. Is that weird? Uh, did you mute yourself again? No. No. Why? What's bad about me? No, you're good. Now no, no, you're good. It was just really soft for a second. Okay. I'll let you get settled. Yeah. Before and I then do. you're going to show me these DVDs? Uh, yes. But also present to you your Christmas gift. Oh, great. I'm going to get my food also. Yeah. Um, oh, thank you. And then Tom is on his way over? Uh, I think he's putting Henry to bed, so he hasn't gotcha. texted me back yet. He'll have a ways to go. Okay, so first, here's our cookies. What is your Wi-Fi? Uh, I think it's... I'll point to the one that it is. All right. Uh, yeah, obviously. That one. Not the... And then, I can't actually remember what the, because um, I changed it recently. Uh, what the heck was it? Oh. Here. Uh, oh, is that the, yeah. Yeah. Then underscore one. I don't know if the P is uppercase. I think it is. Usually if it's uppercase, I'll do a double underline underneath oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, 
Yeah, you were right. You were right. I know me. Um, okay, so first, mm -hmm. uh, I've had this, and I'm supposed to give it to you. The certificate of authenticity for your crew jacket. Great, thank you. And I think this is supposed to count as birthday and Christmas. Great. There's two. There were two things. Prop and, and here's post. here's something that I'll say is that yeah. one of them you were posting about something very similar online. I don't mm -hmm. know if you bought it or not, but I was like, oh no. Um, but I think it's a different than. So there's two things. Yes, there's two things in there, but there's probably like four things. Two are the certificate of authenticities, and two are the things. So, the, yeah, that's the one. Okay, so this is a Lucasfilm Christmas card? Yes. From 1988? Yes. All right. It's the, it's the Lucasfilm Company Christmas card. And it has little angels on it. This is beautiful. May the spirit of the holiday season be with you throughout the year. Uh, Lucasfilm Limited. Illustration by Claudia Mullally. This is great. And it has little blocks that say Lucasfilm. But as best I can tell, if you, let's say you couldn't read those letters. Yeah. Uh, it has the 88. has the 88. But I'm looking to see, like, they didn't load it up with, like, no obvious, like, Lucas tropes. Or things no, like which that. is why I thought it was sort of fun. I like is that. Is that it's like, very, it's like a Christmas card. Like, I think you could put this on your... Christmas mantle. Yeah. And people would not realize. And then this is a pin that says Star Wars the first 10 years. Yeah. Uh, now, did I post something similar to this? No, was... you posted another Christmas card. Another Christmas card. A Lucas, card, Lucas Christmas thing. card. This is a great little pin. And I also love, because I have a, an issue of Starlog magazine from right. 87. Do you know about that? No. i that. And it's like celebrating like 10 years of Star Wars. Yeah. Remember the time thing? Like, it was huge. So, so I think that, that was a staff-only pin also. Yeah. From... And it's also like, to be honest, like, I love that it's still a big thing and there's still stuff to, like, get excited about and everything. But it is also like, uh, like, to me, thank you so much for these, Judy. Of course. Uh, to me, it is like, great that I can still, like, get a kick out of this type of stuff. Um... But it's also like uh, really the I'm lucky in some ways that like I still do a thing that is is like, like what I do yeah. with my show. I feel like is my version of what I used to do with the toys. Yeah. So this was the the enamel pin yeah. was made as a promo thing for staff for the a ten year anniversary of the release of the original trilogy. Yeah. And then, uh -oh. yeah, and then the other one is the 1988 Lucasfilm uh, company Christmas card. That's an actual one from that. That's so great. It's so much fun. They're just too... I like going on prop store and finding like the little weird things, you know? Like the things that aren't like people are going to be spending thousands of dollars on. 
Um, I'm doing, I'm trying to give everybody who comes to the December show is going to get a Norman Rockwell painting. Like not an original. Like no, like I'm literally, well, not even <laughs> that. Like I'm literally buying cheap books so I can like cut them up. So right. That, yeah, yeah. You get like a. You uh, get Norman Rockwell. You get Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because like, what do you know about Norman Rockwell? Like, I feel like I grew up kind of liking Norman Rockwell stuff. Like I thought they were like funny. Like you'd look at stuff and they'd be like, oh, these, these are like paintings that are like really, I like, I liked his style, like the way he drew people. Mm. Right. And he's got some like, uh, like what's the one it. of a uh, hung jury? Have you seen that one? No. Look that one up. It's um, really good. Because there's all these details in it that are like, God, he's just so good at telling a story through how people are. And it's like, uh, it is like cartooning in a way. I think that's it, the, ju- the jury. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're all, it's all these, is it all these guys trying to explain to this woman? Yeah. Yeah, so it's even like, and like, look at all, you can look at all the guys and they all have totally different emotions. There's like one guy that's given up and one guy that's whatever, you know. But it's also like, this is, what year is this? And this is like mansplaining. Right? Exactly. Um, this is great. Um... Um, Thanks for the good cover there. What? Oh, I sorry. I thought you were in the other room. No. Um, I there's something that's like. I almost completely. What happened? This. You break your microphone? Almost. Oh no. Wait. Um. I. Oh man, I almost did break this. I got it caught on the door. Um, Tom's on his way over to carry us home. Um, I. When the footprints There's qualities on. to his work that's like what the great cartoonists have. Right. But like, like Charles Schultz was a great cartoonist, but he was always like, he wanted to be a painter and he just didn't have the skill, but he was great at like a certain kind of line, a certain kind of simplicity. Right. Well, it's, he's got this, the skills of both a great painter mm-hmm. and a great cartoonist. Yeah. That like, which is pretty amazing. The way that, like, Mort Drucker from Mad. Did you ever read any of Mort Drucker? I didn't read any of it, but I know. You know who, who it is. is. Like, yeah. You never read those Mad Magazine parodies? Uh, yeah, I did. But I thought you were talking about, like, about him. No, no, no. Just like. Like, this is one of my favorite guys, Andrew Loomis, mm-hmm. who he was a, uh, 
an ad um, artist. Mm -hmm. And this, he did these like how to draw books. I think phenomenal. I may have had one of these how to draw books of his. Yeah, so how to draw face and hands. Uh, yeah. Fun with a pencil was one that you probably mm -hmm. had. Yeah. Um, but they're very rare and hard to get a hold of now. Mm -hmm. But his drawings were just so great. But he's missing that... Um, I mean, all the stuff he does is so beautiful, and we're like, right. for like wine ads and things like that. You know, look at look at this. This is gr you know. Yeah, but it's very serious. Yeah, Rockwell is like funny. Exactly. Like he's able to draw like a realistic looking, funny expressions. Right. But I think he was someone that because he was like a popular artist, like when he was alive, I think he was like. Regarded by like by serious art critics would think of him as like you're an illustrator. Yeah, and it was said as sort of like a derogatory thing, which is like you're not you know you're not painting like you know great fields and yeah, rivers. rivers and fields. Um, but like he was regarded as like you know popular and populist. Yeah, he was in an a ad way man. Yeah, that yeah that it was and I feel like also in. In our lifetime... He was like the Banksy of his time. Well, I feel like in our lifetime, there's been a... Uh, like, the knock on him has been that Norman Rockwell... Like, when, when it's, it's used often as, like, a pejorative as, like... Right. As if it's, it's, as if it's almost, like, adjacent to, like, MAGA or something, where it's, like, white... Uh, a privileged... It's romanticizing like, the white experience. Yes. And what I didn't realize, I was not familiar with how he... When he stopped doing work for the Saturday Evening Post in the 50s or maybe early 60s, it was because they wouldn't let him be more, like, political. And have you seen the one... That's, I think it's called, like, The Problem We All Have or The Problem We All Share. No. Let me show you this. Or maybe I have. I don't know the title. I, don't think, I think I knew what this painting was, but I never knew that it was... For some reason, I didn't associate with him. Um, uh, and this is from... This is from, like, The Problem We All Live With. Have you seen that one? Wow, that's great. And the uh, he started doing for Look Magazine. He started doing right things, and they were more like he wanted to do things about civil rights. He wanted to do things about the problems of the the what's wrong with America, basically, like that. And I feel like that's something that I apparently. Uh, Obama hung that up in the hallway. That Norman Rockwell painting, the original, was hung up in the hallway outside the Oval Office for a period while he was president. That's and that's like a really like... It's an interesting example of somebody that I... Even as someone who like I've always liked Norman Rockwell, I didn't have any associations. I didn't think of that. I've seen that painting before and never knew it was him. And if you'd asked me before today, I would have probably repeated the same line right. about, like, he's like, uh, uh, you know, like it would have been closer to, boy, like, yeah. 
closer to like um, oh, who's the guy who did the uh, put all the glitter on the paintings? The Christian painter, the right. Oh, what's the name of that guy? Uh, or it's like the. Um, Um, I can't, why am I blanking on this guy's name? Uh, Richard something. Um, Almost, he, we'll put him in the same category as like, <clears throat> precious moment ceramics. Yeah. Where it's like, quaint and ignoring so much of life. And it's just like, um, Ozzy and Harriet. Right. Um, um, why can't I think of the name of that guy who, um, David Blaine, are you thinking of? No, there was like, there were stores where you could buy like, oh, GameStop. there were stores that you could buy like reproductions of his paintings and he would sometimes like scribble a little bit on a painting, and that would make it an original. Um, You're talking about the guy that was like snowy houses. And yes. Stuff? Yeah. Richard something. Thomas Kincaid. Yep, Kincaid. Yeah, I would have put Norman Rockwell obviously at a higher skill level. I like it more. Right. I would have thought like, oh, it's part of that thing of like America was great when it was like this or whatever, and that it would feel exclusionary or something. And it would have been like a an unfair rap, I think, in terms of like right. the the fullness of the full career he had, you know? Well it's also and boy don't I know friends have had to go through this. Making a living doing art no matter what is hard. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Norman Rockwell just had this like free reign to like yeah put whatever he wanted on the cover of whatever magazines he was doing you know what i mean mm-hmm. like so it's interesting yeah mm. but like i've certainly been like when i've done things about um when i'm playing lucas and talking about the lucas museum my sort of I do think it's like a really cool thing, but I also think it's a thing that it's funny that he struggled to find a place for it because right. there's been a, there's been an at, like the fact that San Francisco didn't want it and then Chicago said they wanted it and then Chicago was like, no, we don't want it. And finally he found a space right. in LA, which is like, it's like a part of LA that needs some, like it needs something there. Right. Cause you go there and there's like, there's like, oh, what do we have around here? There's like a blimpy and Where there's like, it? it's over. Mm. Have you been to it? Last time I was there, I went over and drove near the the construction site. Um, it wasn't near anything. You know, it was like Exposition Park. I'm assuming that's been renamed because of the, that's where the Museum of Storytelling is. Maybe it was always called that. It's near like Honda of downtown Los Angeles. It's over near University of Southern California. It's also near the funny. Los Angeles DMV. It's also funny that we were just trying to figure out some like context to this like story that you're telling, and then 
it's in Exposition Park, which is like a name yeah. that's so generic that it yeah. doesn't provide enough exposition. Yeah. Um, I... But I feel like there was that thing of like, you're going to open up a Star Wars museum? What is this? How long is this going to be here? Right. And I do like... Mm, is it going to be in-universe? Well, the I, I one joke that I've made consistently on the show is that some people get like a storage space, you know, they'll get like a storage locker somewhere for their right. stuff, and Lucas is like, well, let's just like put a museum. I got like a hundred Norman Rockwell paintings, and a, I still think the funniest one of the funniest troll moves that Lucas has ever done is the fact that when you go to the Lucas Museum website. Still, the very first thing that you, if you look up the art, like here, I'll show you, like that's, it's, it's moved past it, but um, that's what it's going to look like. It's a big, weird spaceship. Mm-hmm. And you're like, let's go to the collection. And you're like, that looks like Queen Amadala maybe up there. I don't know. But then the very first painting is Otogunga City. It's a a concept drawing from The Phantom Menace. And I'm like, that is... And then there's like a Norman Rockwell uh, thing after that. And then there's got his buddy Steve. He's got a thing from E.T. But like... It's really funny that the first painting we'd show would not be like the the sketch of like the two sons on Tatooine or something like that. It would be a thing that's like... Of Georgia's underwater uh, hometown... Gunga City. Ooh, Misa, Misa, like it. Speaking of which, now that we have... um, I think I would prefer a museum. That was like the history of the um, Rodarians or whatever. Or like, oh, this is the phases of the the sons of Tatooine. Even I get boarded sometimes. You think I had a choice? Right. Um, I did not exaggerate. Let me just watch McClunky again. (laughs) Sound like. Wait, give me a moment. Sound like my damn kid. Go to bed, JD. I want to watch McClunky again. You've watched McClunky five times. Go to bed. Tell me a McClunky story. You're never going to see McClunky again if you don't. It it is 10 o'clock, JD. It's an hour past your bedtime. We've watched McClunky for an hour. Okay, can I have my McClunky for bed? My stuffed McClunky? Yeah. His name is Greedo. (laughs) Don't call him McClunky. That's not his name, JD. (laughs) We talked about this. Don't you like like when there's like parents that are obsessed with something and they're like. No, that's not. Is, are, you okay. you mean Greedo, right? You mean Greedo, yeah? All right. Oh, 
Oh my god. <laughs> it's so bad. Wait, um, do it again. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you in Disney Plus so we can so it's not like stuck to that little clip. I just want to keep. I know because he just goes McClunky, and, his, and it's even. It's like his face sort of woggles. I've done McClunky. You are, and you, I don't think you're even really focused yet on the the little wiggle that Han does yet. Like yeah, I don't think you've really processed. <laughs> oh, I haven't even Have looked because McClunky. Because so sort of, so his nose sort of wrinkles, and he goes McClunky. McClunky. Okay. Oh, oh look, it's right where I. That, you can see where I've last. Uh, yeah. I don't have it with me. Tell Java. Uh-huh. It's frozen. Oh, Disney Plus. I don't have it with me. Tell Java. Even I get bored at sometimes. Also, can I point something else yeah. out? Where the McClunky footage comes from. It's just reused. A, a reused push in yeah. of the shot before. That's the word I was looking for. Oh my god. Watch Han do his little Wait. stutter to the side. Sit with me. Come on. Even I get bored sometimes. Do you think I had a choice? There. I keep missing it. Clunky. Oh, that is not good. Well, and the the worst part of it is, it reverts back after the shot. Yeah. So it's not like he moves and then stays. It's he moves right. and it's right back. That was in the original re, though. No, the little wiggle has been made more. I think this is. It's bad. Um, my clunky. clunky. Um. I think Tom is here. Is Tom here? Um, McClunky. Is Tom here? No. He'll be here uh, shortly. I think you'll appreciate this. So this is just a little... McClunky. This, oh, this is my... Um, this is just my little promo for the December... The okay. holiday edition of George Lucas Talk Show.
<laughs> you dummy. Because I was trying to know how much time that took you to make. Not much. You had to do all the voices. No, that's just the, the McClunky. No, but you did the little, the little McClunky. McClunky. That's just a little background detail. Like five <laughs> seconds. Um, I'm just saying, you're sitting there going, oh, McClunky, McClunky. I just think it makes more sense, especially because Harrison Ford's so good in that scene. But when you watch him walk up and do that thing where he's like, sorry about the mess. Right. It's pretty wooden. It's pretty, like, weird and stiff. Yeah. The way he does it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's Tommy Boy. Hello. Hello, Tom. Tom Levin. Tom Levin, close that. Wait. I have to do my thing. It's a little bit like... So I think... Wait, it, take a breath. Okay, we're here. My clunky. Harrison Ford looks like... It makes more sense for the next thing he says to also be McClunky. Right. Because he gets up and he kind of like walks over. Almost like the, the, the plot of the movie is that... What's that? I'm going to leave my wet stuff outside. Oh, sure. Oh, no, you can put it in here. Tom, my home is... It's so dry in here. I'll leave my shoes there. Well, no, my wet shoes are right there. Well, Connor. Tom, people have been stealing shoes in our neighborhood. That's true. How are you, Tom? Good, Connor. How are you? You didn't want us to do... Our podcast in your home near your kid? <laughs> I really didn't. I really did not want to do that. I was like passing you, the request on to JD and I was like, what's he saying? Is he saying we can do the podcast? I slow played it though. Molly and I like act like we're like criminals in our own home just because he's so sensitive to any kind of noise. So we literally, we're in the living room. He's what very far away. Time? So it's like seven now. Okay. Um, and we put him down. He's just so sensitive to noise. So, like, anytime we go in the kitchen, we, like, slink and we tiptoe. And we still haven't figured it out. We, like, have to do all of our dishes pretty much before he goes to bed. Because we haven't figured out a way to do our dishes without... Is, is he a big crier? Instantly waking up. He's not a big crier. He's just, he's just very sensitive to noise. And then he's, like, wants to just be up. Then he's up, yeah. Then he's like, what are you guys doing in there? Right. Yeah. And then you got to go. It's not hard to put him back down, but... but it's you, just a process. You need to greet him. And yeah. you need to uh, sing him... He's sing, like your weird sing, boss. Yeah. Sing him some sweet nothings. And then he'll go down pretty quick. I, I brought you guys some uh, Astoria treats. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh, I, I thought got, you might need to pick me up. I got a treat for you, Tom. Oh, you do? I mean... Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, wait, Tom. This is so funny. What? Okay, I think we, we might have doubled up on our story of treats. Why? Oh, did you get Chip as well? Oh, my God. Yeah, there we go. And I was, I was like, Tom, we got you a story of treats. Oh, my so God. So now we have a story of treats. Oh, no. And we already, like, basically... I was, basically, I was on the fence about which treat to get you, too. The, and I went, I went chip, and I was going to get you something also, else. Also, we turned... And this is perfect. We tr- I'm, I'm extra glad now that we turned down that deal that they gave us. Yes. Because oh, the we, fi- got, the, the we got five four, for one and they were extra. like, if you get one more, you get another one. And I was like... I hate that deal. It's too many cookies. That's what we cookies. said. We were upset at the... It's also tricking it a, you into hurting yourself. It was a real problem when they first opened because it was so crowded. Yes. And the deal made people get more cookies than they would have gotten. Yeah, Because they're like, they I don't want to wait in the everything. line again. It yeah. was like they were shooting themselves in the foot with this deal. Yes. And it was so poorly organized when it was first. It was bad. I, yeah. I've, I've, Didn't uh, you write a letter? I wrote them a comment. I've never done that in my life. On I what? wrote them an anonymous comment. On their website, you can like leave feedback. Oh, by the way... Uh, just because while I remember, 
you can there's a section in the Disney Plus app or website where you can request a title. Right. So like Muppet people are using that to try to get the Muppet show on it, like various people are doing that. Oh, great. So when you eventually do get on it, I encourage anybody who has it to like you go into like help and it's like leave feedback and then there's a special thing for that. Because it made so, a difference. You, you improved Chip Shop with your letter? Yeah. And well, I, it, it seemed to improve. I, I like to think it was my note. I, and I was putting Caravan of Courage. That's what we're all putting. And Battle for Andor. Why do you always just say Caravan of Courage and not Battle for Andor? Do you really like one more than the other? I think I saw Caravan of Courage more often. But Wilford Brimley is the one in Battle for Andor, right? Yes. Caravan of Courage is the one where they The like. first one. That's one where they lose their parents or whatever. Or they, they, they get lost. Is that the first one? Yes. That's yeah. the one where they meet up with the fairies and stuff and trick the Gorlax to fall off the cliff. Yeah, but that little fast guy, he's just in Battle for Endor, right? Yes. I barely remember them. I barely remember them also. I love that I own those on DVD and they came with a sticker that said, "The Star Wars own the Star Wars movies they don't want you to see. It was like an official <laughs> right. sticker. Because I don't think it was a Disney... DVD, I think it was still like a 20th Century Fox DVD. Right. And it, and, it ha- and I wish I could have kept the stickers. One of those where I hated taking the wrapping off because I like, actually like that it says right. there's Star Wars movies they don't want you to see. It's like, that's a crazy concept. <laughs> right. <laughs> these are the ones they don't want you to see? These are the sexy ones. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. These are the ones that like, nobody wants you to see these? Oh, man. You were, were you a big Star Wars kid growing up, Tom? No. I was... Uh... What were your go-to growing up? Superman. I was huge on Superman. The movies? Fascinating. Yeah. Weird. Why? Why I don't weird? think I've ever seen... You've never seen Superman? Not, I mean, I've seen it probably in passing, but I, I don't have like a strong grasp on the original Superman movies. Yeah. So it's... it's I wasn't that into like comic books, but I was into the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Right. So All four? Well... Yes, I was in all four, but like, man, is there a drop off? But I still watched. I watched all four, like all the time. Right. But like growing up, now I can like look back and be like, okay, one's great, two's great, three's one of the worst movies ever made, and four is four's as well. Bad. I, I still think. I remember when four came out. That's the one where he. Superman gathers all of the nuclear weapons of the world yes. in a big net and throws them into the sun. Yes. Yeah. And I remember thinking, now I don't know what would happen if you took all the nuclear weapons right. and threw them into the sun. <laughs> yeah, but right. I remember feeling like, it can't be good. Like, it's not a great plan. Like, yeah. Best case scenario, I feel like it's like the sun's so massive that it doesn't matter. But it feels like it should. Right. Like it's a lot of nuclear weapons and it just feels like... I do think it is probably true, though, if you really were going to do that, the sun would just like it would just swallow them. It would just it swallow nothing. them. But it, yeah. it, to me, it felt like at the time I was like... It seems like shouldn't they? It would be better to just have them float away somewhere and they can't be activated, right? right. As opposed to let's blow them up. Yeah, in the that's sun. interesting. Oh, so it's I feel like anything with the sun, it's like that's literally the single thing keeping us all alive. Don't risk yeah. it. Let's not even risk it. Yeah, just, just shoot don't, it out. Don't throw. Yeah, yeah don't. put it into one of those mirror things that you used to put bad guys into. Yeah, right. Yeah, at best, it's like you're giving the sun junk food. Yeah. Uh, but so four is horrible, but three is th- three is just more ridiculous. it's more tonally off because that's the Richard Pryor one, right? Yeah, it's like it it's op- like it's a comedy. It, it opens like as a- like like the opening credits is like a farcical slapstick comedy bit 
where like they're playing like goofy music and then it like swoops in to do like the actual Superman title card, which as a kid that like the Superman title card was kind of the most exciting part about the movie because it's playing the right. music. Bum, 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 bum. Comes, it's great. And they just music. Ro- they rob you of it. One is the best in terms of the opening credits because there's something almost like scary about it. It's got this comic book opening. If you listen to, because I've actually been listening to it on Spotify, you can listen to like the actual track from Superman One, and it's in like the first like ninety seconds of it, you would not recognize what song. You'd be like, "What weird song is this?" And then it like swoops into the. That's so interesting. Because that's the opening of of Superman One. I have two questions for you because I truly didn't know this about you. Oh, you didn't? No, I had no idea that... I would have failed this test if you had said... If either of us about you was like, who do you know who's really into the Superman movies? Yeah. I wouldn't have known that. Because you don't talk about them a lot. Well, yeah, I'm not like... Uh, like, I know Michael Hartney is super into Superman. But he's I feel into, like, he, like, the comics He and knows the everything about Superman. I don't, I don't actually know that much. I was just super into these movies, and I love Superman so much. And when I was a kid, I would walk around in a Superman outfit, like, all the time. So the second one, there's the Richard Donner cut. Yeah. And then there's, like, Richard Donner famously, like, he directed it, and then he was replaced. And Richard Lester, the director of A Hard Day's Night, right. finished it. Right. So the original version that was released was technically, like, and Richard Lester was more like of a weird comedy director. Yeah. And then there's this restored Richard Donner cut. Do you have a preference I have a preference to the original, but it, part of that is, like... Nostalgia. Yeah, I can't separate it from just, like, those Superman movies. So when like, you see the Richard Donner cut, what is, what is the difference? Like, what is it... I don't rem- I only watched it once. I don't remember, like, what the added scenes were. I just remember being like, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need this. A, a lot of times I do like the director's cut, but there have been some times... But that's interesting because it literally is, like, a different director. What was the thing that director. Richard Donner was thrown off of? Superman. Superman 2. 2. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Let me look up because I, I don't want... remember why, but... Let me get the exact facts on it because I remember it being kind of fascinating. My other question is this, because I... What did you feel about Superman Returns? So I really enjoyed watching it because for that, for the reason that I loved those Christopher Reeve Supermans and felt like it was really... It was trying hard yeah, to pay, it pay was tribute to that. In, in like every possible way. And was it Brandon Ruff? Is that his name? And the, and the best part of it, probably for me, yeah, was the opening titles that it was yeah. like, ooh, it was the like, same, the same thing, and it was clearly an homage to those movies. <clears throat> but like, I I don't need to watch that again. So I enjoyed watching it because it was hitting on those things I like about Superman, right? And I really didn't like the new one, the the Man of Steel. Because it felt like that was like a Superman movie for people that don't like Superman and think Superman's boring, which is a lot of people. But like, yeah. that's not what's interesting about Superman is not watching him like fight his rival. Yeah, I well, I love the part in Superman where uh, he gets. I like when he just spins the world back and undoes everything. Yeah, I also really like. Is it? Is it is two the one where he's like I don't want to be Superman anymore? Yes, yeah, so he gives up his power so he can be with Lois. Lane. He gets beat up by those guys in the bar, and then he goes back yeah. at the end and like yeah. beats them up. Yeah, it's like the only spiteful thing the Christopher Reeve <laughs> Superman ever did. I like, really loved it. I loved it when he's like, I'm gonna go back to that bar and beat the shit out of that guy <laughs> yeah. who beat me up. The one period where I wasn't Superman. Yeah. Um, I. 
in Superman Returns, I remember feeling like it was a huge bummer that it's like Superman left and then he comes back and Lois is with someone else and the new person's yeah. like a nice guy and he's just got to like eat shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember being like, what was is... that? What's that actor again? The guy that plays her new? I don't remember. I forgot his name. But I remember just being like, this is a bummer. Like, yeah. Because uh, now I got to like, what, root for this nice guy that she's with now. Right. And wasn't there the indication that the, the child was Superman's? More than an implication. Yes. They, they really, yeah. The, but they the whole, didn't like, really explain is... why Superman left, I feel like. Right. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Why would Superman leave? Like, I don't get this. Yeah. And then, and then and the timeline was weird because it's like he's younger, but it's like supposed to be after kind yeah. of what you've already seen. You saw my cut that I made years oh, ago. Oh, God, I love that. The Clark Kent. The Clark Kent edit. I love yeah. that so I had much. no idea when I showed that to you that you were obsessed oh, with yeah, Superman. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know that that's online anywhere because I think that was part of the Vimeo that got uh, deleted. The oh, vi- really? The whole account got deleted because it was... It, I think oh, because it was, it's a violation? Everything on the account was a violation. Right. And then I did something very st- stupid... Out of an, out of pure enthusiasm, I did a huge copyright violation. <laughs> that was, I mean, I violated copyright law so many times. Yeah. In my life, I still am doing it, it, it constantly. Uh, ladies they, and gentlemen of the jury, I just want to plug my Instagram while you're listening to this. In the copyright case that Connor's being uh, tried for right now, I'm sorry to listen to this whole episode. I this podcast is the evidence for. I fair use. I believe it's all fair use. Um, Vimeo used to be they used to not be an issue on Vimeo. Well, I did. Well, because they were just a small enough company that they had no yeah people really combing through anything. Right. I think this was the channel where I had my cut of the movie Nebraska, where I just looped the Bruce Springsteen album Nebraska under the movie Nebraska three times. Yeah. And it's sort of it sort of lined up like Dark Side of the Moon to Wizard right, of Oz. Right, because there's no music in Nebraska. Is there no music in the movie Nebraska? No, I don't believe so. Well, no, I just did it so like you're not even hearing the dialogue. It's just the soundtrack is just oh the full album. But that album's only like 40 minutes long, so I had to play right. it like two and a half times or whatever. Yeah. But there are times where you're like, oh my god, it lines up perfectly. But there's really the only connection is they're both called Nebraska. Right. Right. But it also is like I'm violating Bruce Springsteen's copyright and Alexander <laughs> Payne and the makers of Nebraska. And it's actually the thing that during TV I've learned that they hate the most, which is when you alter something because you are changing the perception of their intended art. You know what I mean? Like, What do you mean? Who says that? Lawyers. It's worse. But because, isn't that when you're more justified because you're making a new thing out of it? No, because you're not making a new thing out of it. You are you are trying to convince people that the movie Nebraska had the the, the album Nebraska. That's what I get though, beneath it, which it, is does it not fall under like the parody thing? Where uh, to it me, could, but that's to a me very the, loose parody. To me, the joke of it was the idea that they do these things where it's like if you play Dark Side of the Moon under Wizard of Oz, it lines up. They must have recorded that album with that movie in mind, right? But the point is, someone could stumble across. And think that that was the movie Nebraska, and think that it had this hastily placed soundtrack with no dialogue, but people mouthing words the whole time. To me, I thought it was really funny the idea that the makers of Nebraska made the movie so it lined up with the Bruce Springsteen album Nebraska two and a half times back to back. So it's literally <laughs> just like we made this movie so that you could just keep playing Nebraska until we ran out of movie right. halfway through a song. Um, but yeah, so I did a I edited a Superman where I edited out 
uh, it was the first movie Superman where I edited out all the parts where he becomes Superman. Right. So it was just Clark Kent, and then I rescored it with music from The Shining. It's so good. And so I remember this. it makes it look like Clark Kent. Because there's a runner in Superman about, like, there's someone killing women. Yes. Yeah. There's this, like, news story. It's like, someone's, like, chopped up a bunch more women. And when you're just seeing these things and you're not getting a Superman plot, you're like, it's totally Clark Kent. Like, and he's because the guy. he's being dumped on a lot. Yeah. Like, but, there's sort of, like, the whole joke is sort of like, Kent, get destroyed out. Know, and there's things like, there's right. a scene where he comes into the room and they're like, Kent, open this bottle of wine. And he's like, uh, uh, and he's holding in his crotch trying to open the bottle. And then... Lois, without even really paying much attention to it, grabs the bottle, opens the thing, and then it like spills all over him. And he's like, oh, and she's like, oh, sorry. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's okay, Lois. I know you wouldn't try to deliberately humiliate me on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, if you don't have the parts later where he's confidently Superman, you realize, oh, he's pretending to be awkward. Yeah. It just does look like, oh, God, this poor like nerd is cr- a crazy maniac with all this like yeah. pent-up hostility. Because you don't realize... If you take out the Superman parts, then you don't have any reason to think that Superman is just pretending to be like awkward and uncomfortable, right. or you know. It really does make him feel like just a psychopath. Yeah. With uh, building rage. So Superman two. Yeah. Um, this is just like the little. So the principal photography for both Superman films began in 1977, uh, and. So like, it looks like they were filming them both at the same time? I didn't realize that. Um, they were doing like a Lord of the Rings thing? Yeah, they, they filmed them back to back. And they thought, well, it's best to do that and do a, a, what's a negative pickup deal. What's that, JD? I have no idea. A negative pickup deal is a contract entered into by an independent producer and a movie studio conglomerate, whereas in the studio agrees to purchase the movie from the producer at a given date and for a fixed sum. Depending on whether the studio pays part or all of the cost of the film, the studio will receive the rights um, with net profit split between the producer and the studio. The word negative in this context can be confusing because it doesn't relate to a numerical value where negative means less than zero, but it says comes from the pre-digital era in which a motion picture was embodied in physical film negatives. Does that make sense? I actually zoned out. I right. did too. I was. Ter- I was you guys trying, are the film directors. I was trying directors. to see how many of uh, JD's movies I could like see from here. Is that the Apu trilogy? Yeah, Great. my top ten is right there on the. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I used to have them up here, but then I got sick of looking at them. So I, I love that they get their own. Well, they used to all be displayed up on this blockbuster style thing. Beautiful. All right. So there were tensions. About the budget going up, Donna responded by claiming he was never given a budget. And then Richard Lester was brought on after a few months of filming as an uncredited associate producer intermediary to mediate the relationship between Donna and the Salkinds, who were no longer on speaking terms. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Lester had previously won a lawsuit against the Salkinds for money he still was owed. Um, and uh, then they offered to compensate him if he would help on the Superman films. So he became a second unit director. So he's working with Richard Donner. Right. 
By October, Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, and Valerie Perrine had completed their scenes as they were all under contract to finish both pictures. But they had several months of filming left, and then they halted production on Superman 2 to focus on finishing the first one. And by this point, Donner's already completed 75% of the sequel. Right. Hmm. During the pause in filming, uh, they... But they still hadn't finished the first they one. They still uh, yes. Then I guess they finished the first one, and then following the release of Superman, um, somebody talked to Richard Donner. Uh, someone was talking about how like Richard Donner was proud of the film and looked forward to. Um, they were looking forward to working on the sequel. Uh, oh, and this I guess this guy was like. This is also Brando is suing them for money, saying he never got his money for the from the gross of the film. Uh, oh yeah, that's an interesting thing about Superman One is Brando's top billing. Mm-hmm. Christopher Reeve is like Brando's got the weirdest career, yeah, trajectory, whatever you want to call it. Oh yeah, I was. Ju- it's so funny you brought up Richard Lester. Because for a second, I was thinking it was Richard Stanley, uh-huh. the guy who directed Hardware, and then Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, and yeah. Island of Dr. Moreau, where Brando was Cuckoo Psycho, bananas. Psycho, Psycho. Yeah. yeah. It's weird for the, my first Brando experience to be Superman, right. like having just no clue. Right. This is like the most legendary actor. It's just like, oh, it's Jor-El. Right. It's so strange. Yeah, he really does have an insane career. I haven't seen a lot of the later ones. I never saw. I never saw the Island of Doctor Moreau. Have you seen um, Lost Soul: The Making of Island of Doctor Moreau? No, Tom. Yeah, it's a documentary about the making of. I didn't know they had one. I, I've seen um, Heart of Darkness. You've seen Hearts of Darkness. You see Lost in La Mancha. Yes. Okay. Amazing. I believe it's Lost Souls, is what it's called. Lost Souls: The Making of Richard Stanley's. It is oh, man. one of the best of all time. Wow. Because also, if you look back at Lost that movie Souls? now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, let me make sure that's what it's called. It's The stories of him making that are wild. Is it... How much of it is about Brando? So much of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, because... Oh, my God. And Val Kilmer's in that, too, right? Yes. And apparently, so Val Kilmer's, like, also Cuckoo Bananas in it. Yeah just behaving like a mess. And then um, Brando shows up and locks himself inside this, like, cabana and refuses to come out. This is like Heart of Darkness again. It's like the same thing. Yes, and it's basically like, I'm going to rewrite the script as we shoot. And he comes out and and is like, now we're going to do a scene where this happens. And so none of it makes any sense with the story. Yeah. And he comes out one day in a full white gown with white face paint. And he's like, this is what my character wears. And the director's like, uh, okay. And then they had hired all these extras to play the, like, animals around the island, you know? Uh-huh. And one of the people that they hired was, like, one of the smallest men in the world who's, like, three feet tall or something. Yeah. And Brando decides that he's going to... This, that man's going to live with him in his cabana and that every scene that Brando's in, he has to be in also 
in an identical matching outfit. Which was the inspiration for Mini-Me in yes. Austin Powers. Oh, I didn't know that. And there's like stories where like apparently like the actor, the little person actor, got such an ego from this yeah. that he started like biting people and like would like just like kick people in the fucking nuts and stuff when they like questioned whether or not he should be there or doing like he was like turned into like an animal. And Brand- how big was his part originally? Like he was a background character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Brandon was like, he's in every scene. Yeah. And so then they had to put him in every scene. Yeah. And the whole thing is it unfold. And then they fired Richard Stanley from it. And Richard Stanley, like, if you, you have to watch the doc because yeah. he did a ritual with a warlock. This is crazy. To get this, him. This next part's crazy. He did a ritual with a warlock to get him the film. Right? Yeah. And then. For the warlock? Like, he did for a ritual who to get with. Who? Richard Stanley, in order to get the film financed and made, he did a ritual with a warlock uh-huh. to give himself good luck. Okay, got it. But do you have any more? Like, he got the he the warlock perhaps got the ritual wrong, is what Richard Stanley believes, or it was like dark arts or something. And so instead of it was like this, like he got the movie made, but then because of the ritual that they'd done, it all fell apart. And so Stanley got fired from working on his own film. Uh huh. And then, this is what gets wild, is then Richard Stanley left, and they're shooting like in the jungles in the middle of He didn't nowhere. leave the... But this thing, he didn't leave the island, basically. He like went into the woods. He went into the woods. Which was always... I've always had this fantasy of someone getting voted off on Survivor. So have I. And instead of, and instead of going and snuffing their torch out, just being like, no! And then running <laughs> into the woods, and That's then like a- haunting the rest <laughs> of the production. That was my pitch for... Rest in peace, what I wanted Rudy to do in season one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We have to talk about this season of Survivor. Absolutely. Oh, man. We're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of time. We'll go long. Yeah. Um, so then he's, like, camping on the island. And then he starts sneaking in and wearing the animal heads. And he's in the film as an extra in the background having snuck back onto the set of the film that he created that he got fired from. So he's an extra and they don't know he's an extra. Yes. He was just roaming around dressed as an animal on the set that he got fired from. So, and then all of the extras had formed this like community of like weird like sexual encounters and drugs and all this stuff because they're all just like trapped on this island behaving like animals all day. That's truly psychotic. Yeah. If you watch so, the like, documentary, every detail is bonkers magoo. But he's also, there was one thing, I can't remember the specifics. Of and then if you watch the movie, you're like, oh, I understand now. It's a bad movie, right? It's just weird. It's bad. It's, the best parts of it are things that are kind of like wrong with it. Like, yeah. the fact that when Val Kilmer imitates Dr. Moreau later in the film, he's not imitating Marlon Brando's way of speaking in the movie. He's doing a Vito Corleone impression <laughs> when yeah. he imitates him. Yeah. Um, Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard It's on, Stanley. I think, Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, oh, it is? It's yeah. really worth it. You will love it. Yeah, What's interesting I, I about it to... is a documentary. Well, there's one part where I believe there's some detail where he's like, at one point they were like... They gave him something to do that was basically like, if he'd wanted to, he's like, I could have... It was something where it was like, you be in charge of this thing. And he's like... Like, whether it was, like, light this or, like, hold a flame to this or something. And he was like, if I'd wanted to, I could have blown up the whole set. Like, it was, he was like, I was in a position where if I'd wanted to, 
I could have done real damage if I'd been like a crazy person yeah. intent on like sabotaging the films. Like I completely could have. I would nobody knew who I was, nobody knew what I was. One thing that's crazy about that documentary, and what's so crazy about and I'm sure there must be a reason for it, but they don't even mention the fact that David Thewlis yes. is in the movie. Right. Even though, like, you know David Thewlis? Who's, he's the main actor from Naked, the Mike Lee movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and He's in Big Lebowski. He's in tons of things. He's, he's in also, Fargo, season three. He's also in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. And he basically, I think he had done Mike Lee's Naked at that point, and he basically got, like, a fax that's like, do you want to be the lead in a movie with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer and... And it's directed by, uh, uh, I think that I think by that point was it John Frankenheimer? I don't know, uh, but it was a thing where it was like, do you want this or not? Yeah. And he's like, sure. I can't turn it down. It's, and it's based on the classic work of literature. You know, it's right. there's every reason not to. And then I think it was just like, well, what could I do? Like I got there, and this movie was insane. Right, of course. There must be some reason why I don't think they even mention his name. In the documentary, <laughs> He's like, Do David Thewlis, you you could watch this whole documentary and not know. I think they have interviews with him. I don't think in that documentary. Really, I remember watching that documentary and keep kept waiting for the part where we find out that like, and then David Thewlis, because wasn't it supposed to be Bruce Willis originally? Yeah, something. There's some. And there is a thing the about. There is a thing about. His, no, as I think it was that it was supposed to be Bruce Willis, and then it wasn't Bruce Willis, and then they wanted Val Kilmer, and Val Kilmer was like, "I don't want to play the lead. I want to play Brando's like yes. sidekick." And they were like, "Oh, that doesn't help us." Yeah. And, and then they got David Thewlis. I believe that in that documentary, because I remember waiting to get to that part, and instead it's just like they don't even mention that David Thewlis right. is in the movie. And I'm like, there must be a reason why either he's like. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, or, like, or he maybe he didn't sign the documentary for them to use any footage of him. Yeah. yeah. Which is like a crazy thing that even as crazy as that thing was, there's an aspect of it that doesn't even make the documentary. Right. There, there's other crazy stuff having to do with this. How far along before the director was fired in the, in the process? I don't think long. I think so, like weeks. Okay. And then, and then the documentary. How how far along into that? Like, is like a lot of the documentary watching him like be like hiding in the woods, like sneaking on it. Uh, it's set? a lot of people telling the stories and then seeing like random behind the scenes footage it. of it. Yeah, um, it's more of like a looking back on the making of than it is super in the moment. But there is a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, but it's like the actors being like, yeah. And then there's this day when Brando came out and he started, you know, blah, you know, whatever. Right. It's fascinating, though. Fascinating. Um, I, I have, to, I have to watch documentaries. that. I do too. There's... Overnight, another good one. Which I haven't seen. That's that one the, um, the. It's not really the making of. It's sort of like the aftermath of Boondock Saints and. Uh, oh yes, yes, yes. Whatever yes. his name is. Yes, yes, yes. That's amazing. Where he's just like being such a. Oh, you know, it's a really good one. That isn't about a famous movie, but it's about a student film. Uh, it's called Amer- Kid or... Icarus. Oh. Did I text you about this? You texted me about it. I haven't watched it yet. It's great. Because it has all the trappings of it, but it's about this like community college student. Yeah, right. And it's phenomenal. American movie. I thought that's what you were going to say. That's good. Yeah, American movie is also really good. Yeah. Oh, and that ties into why I got my Vimeo account deleted. So I, I had this Vimeo account that had my Clark Kent edit, which was Superman minus the right. Superman scenes. 
and I have my Nebraska cut, and I guess this is a real moment of hubris. There, I put up <laughs> Chris Smith's American Job, his feature film, right, which is completely unavailable anywhere. It was released on VHS, and they've ne- he's never put out a DVD of it. And it's one of my favorite movies. And I, <laughs> I just Wait, uploaded. What is it? It's the movie he made prior to American Movie. Got it. And I thought it was a documentary at first. And then I was, as I was watching it, I thought, oh, it's the prequel. To, it's like the part of a do- yeah. series of documentaries. And then I realized, like, as I'm watching, I'm like, how is this a documentary? Wait, how did they know to have a camera in that office when he went in? Like, how many cameras do they have in this? And then I realized, like, I think this is narrative. Yeah. But the actors are all, like, non-actors. There's a sequence right. in the movie where it's basically, there's no plot. It's just a guy going from one shitty job to another. So he works at a a hotel cleaning rooms. He works in a factory and they show him how to work this machine. He works in a fast food restaurant. Right. And it feel it's so depressing because like there's the scene where he interviews at the fast food restaurant. It just feels like when you go to interview for a job like that and they're like, Oh, over here, like we usually wear these shirts and uh, this is where we make the fries. You got And he's like showing him how to do it. And it's so like, it's kind of funny, but it's also like, more depressing than any movie I've ever seen about like a horrific murder because you can feel how soul destroying it is to work in a job that you don't want to work at all the time. And you're in this place, you know? Right. And I was just, I want, I was like, I'll just put this on my Vimeo. Yeah. And then (laughs) within days, my Vimeo was just gone. I was like, I don't have any, why did I do that? Why did I just put a whole movie up on my Vimeo that belongs? And it was, but it is like, I do wish, I don't know why it's never been available to watch in any form. Because to the best of my knowledge, Chris Smith just owns it. But there's probably a reason. Oh, of course there is. And I had no right to do it. Like, you know what it'd be like? Yeah. Like, you know that, like, uh, that election special that the Gethard Show did yeah. when Trump won. Right. Like, it'd be like if someone's like, it's not available anywhere, so I put the whole thing up in its entirety. Right. And being like, well, no, it's not up for a reason. Right. Um, so what's the reason? Just it was... It went badly. A little uh, weird. Remember how our special went really well? Uh, the one at UCB? Yeah. What happened at... Well, we don't need to get into it if it's... I think it was like, it got contentious and people started fighting. Whereas ours, oh. ours was very sad, but it was designed so that um, yeah, there were... Even when Hillary was winning, we had built in the sadness. You were, you were very ready for him to win. You were very prepared for it. I love how you phrased it that way. I was like, I couldn't wait for Trump to win. Yeah, I no, was so not, ready. Not like was like, that. here he comes. Just, we're just coming back. A, just as a performer, you were, you were just ready for that outcome. I love hearing that. You were. I, I just. I. I remember. I was. I was in denial like so much longer than you were because I remember coming up to you. She like won the state. Mm-hmm. I was like Connor. She won, and you just had this smile. Like you kind of just looked at me, and it was like you already knew. That's that's kind of the moment I knew he was going to win. I was like, oh god. Well, I was just saying earlier about when I was coaching Iggins, and everybody on Iggins was very big for Bernie, and I was like, I like Bernie yeah. too, but this is something someone heard earlier in the podcast because they said it. But I was like. I'm not worried about Trump winning, except to the extent that if he does win, it'll just be because the problem with America is worse than I thought. Yeah. And so in that election special, every time Hillary won a state, we had a Sheryl Crow karaoke sing-along. And every time Trump won a state, the lights turned blood red, and I played the music for Taxi Driver, and, I, and we would tell the audience, we have to sit in this feeling for like a few minutes. 
And my feeling was, even if Hillary wins, Trump will win more states. And it was important to me that the audience understand that it's like, even on a victory, we're going to have to spend X amount of time living in this. And what I had heard was that in 2004, I think like the, the um, Respecto guys at UCB, they hosted like an election night special thinking John Kerry was going to win, they're going to beat George Bush, and it was a really depressing evening. And I was determined, I was like, this could go either way, I'd been disappointed before, I want to host a show that is ready for any outcome. Hopefully it'll be a really fun night where we celebrate the first woman president. Um, I'm glad that you were there to witness that. Yeah. But the, how did we get to that? It was... Um... Oh, oh! Yeah, JD show. said it would be like yeah, yeah. if someone uploaded yeah. that whole thing. I think what happened show. at every other election night special that I heard about, whether it was Colbert live on TV or the Gether Show one, was that people just weren't prepared. They hadn't. Yeah, they well, hadn't. Gether had done because I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I literally stopped by for like forty-five minutes. I stopped by and did a bit early in the afternoon on that. I didn't special. even do a bit. I was just yeah. there for forty-five minutes. And that was, yeah, it was yeah. not my project at all. But I believe what he had done was he was so sure that Hillary was going to win. That he didn't want to have it just be a rah-rah celebration. So he stacked the deck with comedians that leaned a little right. Oh. So that it could be sort of like, while we're all celebrating Hillary, let's all also keep in mind right. the other side. And then as things started to turn, suddenly you had <laughs> two sides in the room. Both sides. It didn't go great. Yeah, that makes sense. And basically you had like... I think a lot of shouting, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of audience members feeling like uh, you're making jokes while America is like burning. Whereas in our room at UCB Chelsea, we were getting to the point, even though there were were moments where I think the only moment where I lost it was when Missouri went for Trump. I think that was the only moment where I lost control because I was like, it's a personal moment to me. Yeah. Where... I think they declared Missouri for Trump, and I just went, God damn it! Right. I just, like, I was just furious, because I was like, you fucking had the bellwether status my whole life, where you went with the winner. Right. Which is like, I didn't agree with it all the time, but at least you were like, you weren't just going against uh, the candidate because of the... Right. Because you're a poisonous place. Like, you'll vote for the... You were going with the winner. And you gave it up as soon as there was a black candidate. Right. And you gave it up again. And now with the third time, I'm like, you've officially, like... Now you'll go with anybody. Right. Like, you're just, like, you become that place. And I was so angry because it was just, like, we're now officially, like... I was... I always took some level of comfort and discomfort with the fact that Missouri was a split state in the Civil War. Right. So I'm like, we're not a full-on Confederate state. Right. There's the north part of Missouri that went with the Union. And I was always like, you know, because I don't understand Confederate pride. I really don't. I think, you know, when the Nazis, uh, uh, after World War II, I always liked that there was that thing where it's like uh, uh, the reckoning that I would read about where it's like, we, you know, we're, you can't have a Nazi flag. You, uh, you're not allowed to do Like there were certain things where it's like, we have to like, right. we have to make that, we have to deal with this. And I don't feel like America's done that with the Civil War. I feel like there's been a lot of like, oh, I just right. have like the, like I had, a, I had a Dukes of Hazard car when I was a kid. I played with it all the time. And then I remember real, I remember when I learned what the flag was on the top of the car. And I was like, wait, what? 
I was just like, I was horrified as a kid that I was like, I've been playing with a, a car that right. basically celebrates slavery. And I was just like, I don't. I wish somebody had told me. I was just a little. Totally. I was a little kid. Like I don't like. I don't like. I think back on that. I'm like, I spent years thinking that Bo and Luke Duke were just the coolest characters on TV. Right. And now I realize, like, oh, that symbol on there. You know, I don't get it. Anyway, Richard Donner, Superman Two. Richard Donner. Richard Donner, Superman Two. So he got a, One day he gets a telegram from the producers saying that his services are no longer needed and that Richard Lester would be taking over, and. The producer said, Dick Donner said, I will do the second movie on my terms and without, uh, and this one producer named Pierre Spengler. And Salkine said, Spengler was my friend since childhood and my father and I were very loyal guys. So we said no. So it was basically there was like one guy that Donner didn't want to work with. They said Gene Hackman declined to return for reshoots so they had to use a stand-in actor and a voice double for several scenes in Superman 2. Yeah. And it's just a fascinating mess of a like... uh, I think they had to redo stuff because Brando wouldn't appear again because he was like, For sure. you owe me more money and everything. Yeah. Oh. Childhood Tom did not. not did did Nano dare see you? Two is amazing. It, I, what I liked about one and two was I liked that, isn't it, in one, you see, it, oh, does it open with uh, him putting those criminals in the... Yes, yes, yes. And it, then they it, don't it, have anything else in one. They have nothing to do in one, and then it comes back in two. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it, I remember thinking that was cool as a kid, because movies didn't really do that. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing to that is... I really like that in movies. And now, like... Like, I like Marvel. I like the Marvel stuff. The Marvel movies and things. I like them building a universe and stuff like that. Right. I would have loved it as a kid. Like, I like it as an adult, but as a kid, I would have been so into the idea that we're going to these movies and they all, like, overlap and connect to each other. Totally. Um, and my favorite thing, two of my favorite things that I remember from movies as a kid were that Superman 1 had those villains trapped in the flat thing, and right. then they're not the villains of that movie. And then they escape from the flat flowing mirror in the second one. And you're like, I remember these guys from right. the first one. It's a big deal that they're out of it. You know, that they're escaped. And the other thing was that we were just watching. Have you heard about McClunky? No. Oh, boy. Uh, we got to onboard you to McClunky. Um, was that, and this is the thing, this is the biggest thing that I don't like about what Lucas changed about Star Wars. Is yeah. that as a kid... And I, I probably had this, and my guess is you didn't have it in the same ways. I go see Star Wars, and there's a character that's mentioned, but we don't see them. Yes. And it's Jabba the Hutt. And it's a, Greedo comes up to Han Solo and is like, Jabba the Hutt's looking for you. You owe him money. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you in. And then we don't really hear about Jabba the Hutt. We don't see him. We don't hear anything about him. A couple of years go by, another movie comes out, and Han Solo's like, I got to get out of here. I owe Jabba the Hutt money. I got to go pay it off. Right. And then by the end of the movie, Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, and a bounty hunter is like, I'm taking him to Jabba the Hutt. And you're like, who's Jabba the Hutt? Right. And then the third movie, you see Jabba the Hutt, and he's this big, high-status slug. He's so high-status that you're like, how does he move around? Does he move around? Right. He's so powerful that he can just be a lazy, fat shit who's just like... How has no one killed this guy? This guy is the... It, it's such a terrifying thing that that was in charge. Exactly. And and I love that that was like... That took years of my childhood imagination of like, 
what is Jabba the Hutt? Who is Jabba the Hutt? They keep talking about him. Han Solo is scared of him. And then yeah. when we see him, he's more, he's worse than I could have imagined. Right. Because he's not like just a guy. And then Lucas takes that from everybody. There's, we've had 25 years almost maybe of, of the idea that in the first movie, Jabba Hutt's this guy who's like, he comes down to where the Millennium Falcon right. is. He's like, Han, Han, I need my money. And Han's like, I'll get you your money. And he steps on his tail. He's like, whoa. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then you see him like two movies later and he's like, hello. And you're like, you're acting awfully tough, but we saw you like come make a house call to try to get right. your money from one guy. It's and like, he stepped on your tail. He stepped on your like, tail and you let him live. Bamba Jamba. Bamba Jamba. <laughs> and Boba Fett was there for some reason with Jabba the Hutt just like walking around. I'm like, why does no one shoot? Han Solo that day. Right. And, and that, I mean, and the, also, like, in that many years, suddenly you're, like, completely immobile and, like, can barely move. Like, yeah, you've lost you're status. Like, dun, 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 like, walking around, <laughs> scooting around yeah. this thing. Han, Han, I need my money. No, Jabba, I'm not going to pay you today. Oh, my tail. <laughs> and you're like, what kid sees this guy two movies later and he's like, ho, ho, ho. And you're like, wait, that's the guy from before? Right. Oh, wait, that's the guy who presided over the pod race? Ho, ho, ho. I'm, oh, here. Yeah. I'm here for the pod race. <laughs> I'm the master of ceremonies at the pod race. A children's race? I know he's the only child yeah. in it, but it's like, this is not a character to be feared anymore. No. What would the equivalent be if you wanted to ruin Zod and the villains of Superman 2? Would it be a thing at the beginning where you'd make it clear that you can get out of that mirror anytime? <laughs> right, right. Like, what would be the thing where it's like, I'm putting you in this mirror, but press this button and you can get out? And then, like, what would be another thing that would make them, like... They would choose to get in the mirror. Yeah. They, he's like, it's very simple. Just press the button. And they're like, ah, we can't. Ah! And they fly away. We sort of like it in here. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy to think of. of Here's, yeah, I, I thought of another. We we're trying to do a game of thinking of sequels that are the. What is the sequel that is the most dramatically different in tone and style than its predecessor? Oh wow! Um, and not a reboot. It has to be a sequel. It has to be like a continuation of the story. Sims sent his pitches. Does um does Ten Cloverfield Lane count? Yes, that's good. That's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, he said, "A Babe Pig in the City" is an obvious candidate. Oh yeah. He said, "Aliens." Yeah, for sure, Aliens. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick. I don't know. Um, and one that I thought of. It's not a second one. It's a third movie. Have you ever seen the third Neverending Story? Yes, I did when I was a kid. So, Connor, have you seen this? What? The third Never Story. I have story. never seen it. Have you seen the first one, at least? Yes. So the third one, the premise of it, is that Jack Black gets a hold of the Orin, which is the thing that controls Fantasia. And Jack Black is like a punk kid. And so he starts turning Fantasia into a cool punk, you know messy place and so then there's like all this like rock music and like dumb slapstick jokes yeah and they didn't have the budget to be in fantasia the whole time 
So a lot of it takes place in the real world where the Fantasia creatures get like teleported to. And so it's a lot of like, as like a tree person is like, oh, what's this? A bookstore? Here, I have to find a clip of it. In the meantime, while he's looking for that clip, I'm going to show you my clunky. Okay. Okay, so. Wait. First, what do you know about Greedo and Han? I don't. Okay. In the original Star Wars, there's a scene where... You've seen the original Star Wars, right? I've seen... A long time ago, probably. I've seen all the Star Wars. Oh, well, okay. I've seen all the... Yeah. We've barely met Han Solo, and this is like the one where he really makes his first impression originally on, like, he's like a badass. Yeah. This bounty hunter named Greedo with a green face and a weird rubbery mouth comes up to him and is like, I'm going to turn you in. There's a bounty on your head from Jabba the Hutt. This is in the bar, right? This is in the bar. Yeah. He's just made the deal with uh, the... with. Obi-Wan and Luke to like you can rent I'll fly you on the Millennium Falcon Yeah, and, and they leave and then this bounty hunter comes up to him and is like I'm going to take you into Jabba he's like let's talk about this and he's like you uh, I'm going to enjoy this and he says uh, over my dead body he goes that's the idea and then he says I've been waiting for this for, for a long time and then Han says I bet you have and then he shoots him under the table and Greedo's dead and then Han leaves like a badass and he's like Sorry about the mess. So you remember that scene? Yes. Right? right? And then do you That's remember Greedo. the Yes, and you remember the famous controversy where they re-released it. And George changed it so that Greedo Is this the first. like theater release? Yeah, like, special yes. editions. Yeah, yeah. And so George Lucas changed it so that uh, the bounty hunter shoots Han Solo first. But misses. But misses. So they mm-hmm. added a little weird thing where he goes pew and shoots next to Han's head, and at the same, and then a second later, Han shoots back and kills Greedo. So it because, makes it less cold blooded. Yeah. So that George Lucas stupid. is George Lucas's theory is like that makes well, Han less of a murderer. Han wasn't trying to murder him; he was self defense. So and, it's a save the cat moment. And Lucas, Han. yeah, and Lucas also. This was my favorite thing about him in the nineties. Lucas claimed that the special edition was just, like, things he couldn't accomplish at the time. It was restoring him to his, quote-unquote, original vision. And he says he always intended it to be the Greedo shot first, but he, it, it wasn't clear, and this is making it clear. That's not true, because that's not a thing. I understand erasing matte lines. That's like, oh, we want it to look yeah. better. We couldn't do it back then. The easiest thing in the world is to show someone else shooting at you first and shooting yes. back. That's been, a, that's been a thing that's been a staple of movie making in every yes. Western ever made. Yes. No one's ever had a problem where it's like, John Wayne was supposed to shoot second, but we couldn't get it to work. Uh, the budget just wasn't there to put the shots It just in right wasn't order. clear who was shooting first. There's never been a right. movie in Hollywood history where it's like it was unclear <laughs> who was shooting first. So that was the controversy for years. Yeah. Uh, then it comes out. Who on, shot first? It comes Connor out on Greedo. DVD and Blu-ray, and he changes it again multiple times. Huh. Finally, it gets it to a point where it's like they're shooting at the same time. So it's like split the difference. They're both shot. Just Greedo was a bad. Point blank range, Greedo the bounty hunter shoots and doesn't hit you in the head. Han is a better shot. So they, they do it this way. So Disney Plus launches this week. Uh-huh. And there's a change to the scene. And for about 24 to 48 hours, the internet goes crazy because they think that Disney changed Star Wars. Disney finally looks into it because Disney's like, we don't know what the fuck everyone's talking about. And everyone's saying, McClunky, McClunky. And Disney, I assume someone at Disney is probably like, look into this. What is going on? All we did was put Star Wars up on our service. 
and everyone's saying we changed Star Wars. And people are sensitive about Disney like tampering yeah. with Lucas's work. Sure. And finally it's revealed that they did some looking into it and this was the version George gave them. In when he did, made the sale to Lucasfilm, and he like turned so everything over. So a new over. version. So a new okay, version. Another new version with one change. And the change. Should I tell him what the change is before yeah, he sees because it? Because it's not. It's something that yeah. you, you don't know the scene by heart. Basically, what normally would be like uh, over my dead body. That's the idea. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Well, I bet you have. Yeah. Now it goes. Well, I bet you have. McClunky. <laughs> and <laughs> everything Greedo says in the movie is subtitled, except the word McClunky. Yeah. Um, we're going to watch this a few times. Okay, let's do it. I don't have it with me. Tell Java. Even I get bored at some times. Do you think I had a choice? Java. Kupa. 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 Over my dead body. Yes, I bet you have. Okay, so is that same shot in the yes. other one? So that no, same no, sh- no. That, no. that same close up of him is no. that that whole thing's new. That's so new. they put in a new shot of him going McClunky. They added half a second to the, le- the runtime of Star Wars. Yeah. to have him go McClunky, and it's yeah. a as, so whole as Jamie said, new. it's a push in. It's the same shot. That's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, if you look two shots before. Hold on, it's free. Oh, yeah, yeah. What the hell? That is so weird. McClunky. Why? Because, well, apparently... So, so Lu- Lucas I'm, did that? Lucas did that. Lucas did that. There was someone who had a really funny tweet, which was... Oh, my God. It was... What? Have you done a show since McClunky? No. That's why the next show, we're going to talk about McClunky. Do you have your fixes to the other movies that George has done? Uh, what? No, a lot of people have done like edits where they're adding a lot of like McClunkies. Did you do, did you do, uh, <laughs> uh, what's, um, uh, uh, the Ron Howard kids, cars. Oh, uh, oh uh, American Solo? Graffiti? Did you, yeah, American, oh, American Graffiti. McClunky? Uh, I haven't. You should definitely do American Graffiti. And, like, you should do all of his weird films. All with his non... And then it's yeah. like, if you just cut... Because you, you, cut, you, just, cut you exactly what he did. Yeah. You cut to a shot, and you zoom in a little bit. And it's a kid going, McClunky. I think the problem is there's so much time between now and then that there are a lot of YouTube videos where they've added McClunky into Lucas scenes but have and stuff. they done American... They ha- I, I don't know. I you they have not done... American Graffiti American would be graffiti. a good one. McClunky. Um, Howard the Duck? Yeah. I... You should just do it, even if it hasn't, even if it has been done. It just, it's such a funny idea. I did have an idea, and I think it's going to be too difficult to do, but I was going to do the song uh, Maria from West Side Story, but replace Maria with McClunky. Uh, but I think that's too hard a song for me to sing. Um, right, McClunky. I just heard a word called McClunky. 
and suddenly it seems. Um, but anyway, the somebody said that in one of the movies, there's a character who says it's whatever it is like Makonki. It's some other thing that it is a word that exists in another thing that means something like I'm going to get you. Okay. So it's basically like adding another layer of justification for Han Solo. Okay. That it's like somebody that somebody says, "I'm gonna get you," and then that's enough for Han to be like, "Oh no, I better shoot him." Yeah. Um. But it's so funny. It's so truly delightful that. Oh, there was someone who had a really funny tweet though that was like, uh, "Disney, uh, here's your five billion dollars for Star Wars, George Lucas." Uh, make it four billion and let me do one thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and someone else was saying that, like, they that it was as if George Lucas had planted a, a time bomb in Star Wars seven years ago and it went off in the day that because everyone was talking about McClunky and they're like, there's a new Star Wars live action series out today and yeah. all everyone can talk about is McClunky. That's so funny. But it is also it is the kind of thing. That sounds like a made-up joke. That it's like George Lucas added one word to Star Wars, and it's McClunky. Yeah, uh, McClunky. McClunky. Uh, it's so nice. It's so weird. It's the same shot. It's also like the craziest thing to me about it is he took a scene that is one of the best scenes in that movie. It's like one of the most. It's a scene that as a kid. I thought was it was part of what made me like the movie was that scene felt so cool. And the fact that he has now spent like 25 years kind of destroying it. Bit by bit. Like, that scene is now almost unrecognizable to <laughs> yeah. me as a scene. And there's generations of Star Wars fans who've grown up with... Uh, well, there's also someone made a great point where they were talking about how the original intention was to make it clear that Han Solo is not a murderer. But none of us who grew up with the original right. version thought of Han Solo as a murderer. We thought it was that this alien came up to him and was like, I'm going to ruin your life, and he shot him. Right. And, like, we don't think of... You know where it should be? I should put it into the Raiders of the Lost Ark scene where that guy pulls out the swords. Oh, yeah. Maklanki! And then oh he shoots God. him. Oh, my God. You should do that. Because that's what that... Nope. That's what that's supposed to mean. That's what that's supposed to mean. She should I should shoot him. Because both of those scenes are the same purpose, which is that, like, Han Solo's character will kill you. You should do the version that you meant to do where before any character dies, the other character that kills them says McClunky. Well, now they have that where it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi says McClunky right before he lets Darth Vader kill him, and then Yoda says McClunky right before he dies, and it's just a word that right. you say right before you die. That's so funny. Um... Here, wait, can I show you Neverending Story 3? Yes. The whole movie? Yeah. All right. Um, Should we try one cookie while we watch this? Yeah, what cookies did you guys get? New cookies, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we got one of each. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. They don't have any of my uh Which favorites. one did you think Connor would like? Um. So I went chocolate chip and oatmeal apple pie. Smart. Um, I didn't. I never know what Connor's gonna like. I now figured Connor have, Con- have one though. We have so many. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. Yeah. I figured the Connor two that I ordered like were the chip. were the triple, triple chocolate, chocolate and the oatmeal apple pie. Okay. But there so was I honestly think- there was no cookie that I would have been like I don't want that. I feel like yeah. triple chocolate is the most chip experience. 
Okay. Because it's just such an overload. Right. That's true. That's true. So let's split this up. What's your favorite chip? I like the... Actually, honestly, I like the Funfetti the most, I think. That's Molly's favorite, too. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's one of her favorites. Right. Butterscotch. Yeah, I like Butterscotch. Butterscotch is the top one for me. I don't tend to like their like gimmicky flavors, but yes. I do really like their peanut butter and jelly as well. Oh, really? This is so intense. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, you're not going to make it through too many. Oh, no, sadly, I will. I know. Triple chocolate is really good. Mm-hmm. That's the macadamia nut? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never ending story three? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Superman 3 is also very weird. I thought of um, Halloween 3 has nothing oh, yeah. to do with Mike Myers. Yeah, so that's not Season of the Witch? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really weird. Especially now because there are so many more Halloween movies. Right. So now there's like 10 of them. And that's the only one that just has nothing to do with... So I tried to find some clips. It's hard to... I don't know which clips these are exactly. Let's see. Definitely watch. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember the original numbering story? It's like pretty high mm-hmm. fantasy. Yeah. Living in this world that's like pretty. Taking it seriously. Yeah. I remember it being like, give me a similar feeling to like legend. Right. So this is Baby Rock Biter now. Mm-hmm. Climbing on Daddy. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, I definitely didn't see this. That is insane. What's the name of that clip so people can look it up? Never running story three. What WTF? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And then the finale, a bunch of the Fantasia characters get transported into Earth. Jack Black is the villain. Young Jack Black? Yeah. What year was this? This is like mid 90s? Yeah. So it's like Bob Robert, Bob Roberts age Jack Black, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. It's. But isn't that just like, like, literally, who would. Who, how does that get past the conversation phase? Like, yeah. there are scenes in movies where I'm trying to imagine that someone had to, like, talk. 1996. Somebody Directed had by, to. 
talk Peter to somebody McDonald. else in a room about this before it happened. Yeah. Like someone wrote it and they sent the script and there was a point where like there were multiple adults in a room and they were like, we need to clear Born to be Wild. <laughs> we're going to need to book some studio time to record a version of it that we can, before we film any of these scenes, there's got to be a point where that guy's in oh, the studio yeah. going, and got a little thing in man. And it's even at the point where you're recording that song, you're imagining like, at what point recording that version did somebody decide we don't need another take of the song? Okay, he's got a weird... Like, did they run out of... Was it like, this is our last chance to do it? Like, the idea that they might have had more time to do another take of the song, and they were like, let's try it. Okay, let's try it. Just try it a little different. See what you can come up with. Like, they didn't have five more minutes to be like, let's do one more take. There was a point where someone was like, that's the version that's going to go in Never Ending Story 3. But also, what take of that could have been anything worth... At some point in the edit, wouldn't they have been like... Hey, we've got like a minute and a half of a character singing a song in a movie that is not a musical. Not a musical. Yeah, there's just so many points where it's like hard to imagine that there couldn't have been somebody like if I was like, we need another take of this, and there wouldn't be somebody else who like, how many takes do you think will fix what's wrong with this? Yeah. I'm just amazed that there was never a point where somebody in power didn't say, like, we're cutting the whole don't film the part where they ride along singing <laughs> Born to be Wild. Why not? Let me play what we recorded today. But here's the other thing. And I want you to imagine it being played in a movie theater with images over it. Let me play you what we recorded. We were in a studio today and we recorded vocals. I realize you want to film this tomorrow. I want you to listen and look me in the eye while we listen to that recording of him singing Born to be Wild. And you tell me that we're still filming this tomorrow. Okay, here's the thing, though. Yeah. So there's bad choices that you can make in movies, right? Of course. You can be on set and someone can just make a weird bad choice, which is like so many people's careers. Like, you look at fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, freaking Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Cage. Nicholas Cage. That's so many things. It was like, yeah, he was just on set and he decided his thing. The clip we just saw was coverage, extremely... Coverage all over the place. An extremely complicated rig of complicated suits. Yeah. And they had to build this tricycle. And it was so that... all done after they had that recording to listen to, knowing that whatever they filmed <laughs> would have that song under it. And they had to Because make... our listeners, like, our listeners, unless they saw the clip, they heard that song. Yes. And they know that, like, maybe it was never too late for them to cancel filming that. Right? Because they had to spend money to make a, a really good, weird, prosthetic fantasy rabbit that goes... Oh, no! <laughs> and then gets run over Flat. in multiple coverage. And, like, they just spend money on that. And they have to spend money making the Rockbiter tricycle and getting, like, oh, no, we have to have a close-up of Rockbiter going, as he runs over the rabbit. I'm also just imagining, like, they're filming that one day, so they're getting everything from a certain place, and then at a certain point someone's like, all right, we're turning it around. That they were like, that there wasn't anyone who was like, no, we're not. We're not, we're not going to, we don't need to film this from another angle. <laughs> Play the recording again of what we recorded. Did anybody here who's filming this hear the playback of what we recorded? Right. Yeah, how long did they spend oh my filming God. that scene? Here's an amazing detail. Oh. So, the director of that movie, Peter McDonald, mm -hmm. in 1980, he was a camera operator on oh my God. Superman 2. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. Everything is connected. And Superman 1. 
Because they were shot at the same time. Yes. And uh, he's the director of photography for the helicopter unit of Rambo First Blood Part 2. That is so weird. And what other movies he, did he direct? Then he went on to direct Rambo 3. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Then he directed Mo Money. He, I saw that in the theater. He directed an episode of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Wow. I remember seeing Mo Money in the theater. And I remember a friend of mine, there was a point where one of the edits in the movie, it was a directorial choice, one of the edits in the, in the movie was a soft wipe. And I remember one of my friends, we all burst out laughing. And one of my friends goes, what is it? Is this movie Star Wars? Like, Because there's just not an edit <laughs> yeah. that movies do. And it's certainly not an edit that you do once in a movie that's right. just like a pretty straightforward looking comedy that all of a sudden you just go wipe. Like a, like a dia- I think it was like a, from, uh, it was just a, a, a straight like vertical wipe. Then he, he directed an episode of Young Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. The Phantom Train of Doom. All right. Then he directed Neverending Story 3. Then an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Do you know what episode of Tales from the Crypt? Escape. I don't know. Uh, a movie called Legionnaire. And then more Young Indiana Jones. Wow. A, uh, like a, vi- a straight-to-video Extreme Adventures of Super Dave, which I imagine is Super Dave Osborne. Yes. An episode of... So Fox. now we are... He and I are linked because I... My first, like, when I did that lottery commercial, it was, it was Bob Einstein's son directing that commercial. Funny. Then he did an episode of something called Harbor Lights and something called The Monkey King in 2000, 2001. And then he has a credit coming up in 2020 for a movie called – a TV series called Night's End starring Kevin Sorbo. Oh, wow. But he's got 60 credits as a camera operator. Interesting. 13 credits as a director. And here's the wild thing. He was a co-producer of Tango – he was the executive producer of Tango and Cash – Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, co-producer. Weird. X-Men Origins Wolverine, co-producer. Wow. Weird. Weird, weird, weird career. But there was a day. What was his name? What's his first name? Uh, Peter McDonald. There was a day when Peter was in a recording studio. Yes. And they performed a version of Born to be Wild. Get out on the highway. And they either ran out of time or at a certain point somebody said, I think we got it. Peter, how's that? Peter, how are we? Sounds good. I think it'll look good when we film it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at um, rabbit puppets. Uh, it was good, though? Everyone in the room liked it? Uh, yeah. 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 I think everybody in the room liked it. Yeah, the rabbit puppet looks great. Yeah. yeah I can't wait to see this. Wait, I want to make sure that we're, it's, we're clear that we're talking about two different things. We did, do you, when you say it's great, you heard the recording of the song? You're not just talking about the rabbit puppet. Yeah, do we know where our lunch is? No. Tom, do we know where the lunch is? I don't know where the lunch is. I got All right. cookies. This is priority one. <laughs> um, I'm going to try part of this apple cookie. I thought of another sequel that's very totally okay. different in Gremlins 2. Yeah. Yes. That's a great one. I saw that in a theater a couple of years ago. But it almost feels like gasoline. I actually tried to watch Gremlins 2 mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Yeah. It's not a... Wildly watchable movie. In a theater, it's much better. I can imagine that. I but bet, did just... you watch it as a kid? Yeah, I watched it so much as a kid. I feel like I could watch it now, just and just like have fun, just with the like. It's one of those movies where I can't remember a lot of stuff off the top of my head, but I know if I watched it, I would like know each scene coming up. The Key like, and Peele, oh, yeah, the Key and Peele sketch you showed me, yeah, 
where have you I ever love seen that? that sketch. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I love that sketch. I mean, that's basically what we're talking because about. Because it, it really is a pun. You know, it is more like a sketch show, Gremlins Two, than it is like a movie. Yeah. Well, because it's just like, oh, we're gonna go into this wacky room and see what happens here. Yeah. It's interesting to me. Well, first of all, one of my favorite things in New York is anytime I mm-hmm. walk past the Clamp Tower building, which is near just south of Grand Central. I just love that that building's there, and no. it's Clamp, Clamp Tower, Daniel Clamp's building. Because I remember I still, the Daniel Clamp logo, which is a C that is squishing the earth like a clamp, right. um, is so great. I love John Glover, who plays Daniel Clamp. It's really interesting, because I saw that at IFC a couple of years ago. It's fascinating to watch that movie now that Donald Trump is a monstrous president. Yeah. Because John Glover's, that's a Donald Trump character. The villain in Gremlins 2 is meant to be Donald Trump. He has a book that looks the same as The Art of the Deal. And it's interesting that they don't make him the villain. Uh, They actually make him kind of like likable. And by the end of the movie, he's like on the right side of things. And, you know, he's like trying to help. He's not like making things worse. They kind of play them as this benevolent billionaire who's a little bit dim. Right. And that, in a way, like I remember being thinking that was a refreshing choice at the time. Mm-hmm. And now, in hindsight, it kind of feels like it inadvertently like was a very small addition to the myth building of Donald Trump. That it's like watching somebody like if somebody had made a. A, a, a film where they portrayed like Hitler as a painter before he was a leader and it's just like he's a normal he's like it's kind of like a sympathetic portrayal knowing mm-hmm. later you'd be like oh no this doesn't hold up well as a choice but I like the weird thing about seeing in the theater is there's the part where the film burns out where the, the gremlins get a hold of the projector and it right. burns through the film and then for VHS, they change it so that the tape gets caught in your yes. VCR. I love that. And it always bothers me that they have not kept consistent, that they have not, like, Warner Brothers hasn't shelled out a small amount of money to Joe Dante make, make to make a DVD version or a Blu-ray version that it does the thing that makes it look right. like your player is broken, or in the age of streaming, that you have one that should make it look like right. uh, the, the spinning wheel or whatever would be... Right. Or make it gl- like a digital glitch version that feels more like they're, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It just, like, I feel like it's a sad fact that Warner Brothers was willing to commit to it for the home video of Gremlins 2, right. the new batch. And then at a certain point, they're like, we're done. It's either the burnt film or the VHS, but we're not doing another, we're not doing a third or fourth version of this. If Lucas can throw in McClurkey or whatever the hell the word McClunky. is. McClunky. <laughs> McClunky. 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 I think it, Gremlins 2 is the same director, right? Yeah. I Joe think Dante. I read, like, like Gremlins 2 is like, no, this is actually what I wanted it to be in the first place. So Joe Dante is amazing. Mm-hmm. He is, he made tons of these bizarre, weird films. Grew up in, like, the, like, Roger Corman school of, like, just make weird, bizarre stuff and for cheap. And he's a huge cartoon freak also. Mm-hmm. Which is why he put the 
Chuck Jones animation yes. at the top of Gremlins 2. Exactly. And so Gremlins 2 is really his sensibility in such a major way. And if you see his other movies and things, you, can, you, you see that coming through in such a, a major way. I'm a huge Joe Dante fan. There are some movies of his, like Matinee, uh-huh. that I'm almost scared to revisit because I remember really liking it. And I only saw it the one time. And there's a part of me that's worried that if I see it again, I won't like it and it'll take the shine off my memory of it. I really like that movie too, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid either. Mm. He also had a TV show, I think called Erie, Indiana. Mm-hmm. I think that was him. My phone's over there. I'll get my phone. I'll get my phone. I hate that in that moment, Tom was just like, we all, I guess we all have to have our phones. I guess we do. Those are just uh, like our little piece. Joe Dante, I'll see if this is still true. I believe that Joe Dante follows me on Twitter. And I think. Small soldiers. Inner Space. Yeah. Oh, Inner Space. Yeah. Oh, my God. I watch the movie all the time. I feel like every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll have, and I don't know if it's just because of a blue checkmark type thing where you're, there are people who will follow you that I'm like, why is this person follow, <clears throat> following me? And then <clears throat> every now and then I'll notice that someone's not following me, and I'll always just assume it's because... Oh, maybe they followed me because they saw, like, oh, I'm on a TV show with this person, or, oh, I'm, uh, this person's on that thing, or they're a UCB person. And then after, like, 50 days of, like, <laughs> Mickey Mouse piece or something, <laughs> they're like, nope. <laughs> like, right. I have a feeling that, like, I think that, like, uh, like Besser and Walsh, like, they're UCB people who I noticed are no longer following me, right. I think, on Twitter. I'm like, I know why. It's because, like, my Twitter. Is like, like, who is this again? <laughs> yeah, but there'll be a day where it's like, uh, here's 20 tweets about Humphrey the Bear at, at the time that he pretended to be a bear rug in Donald Duck's house. And, and, but Joe Dante is one of the few big follows that I'm like, whatever reason he, like, I think I followed him and he refollowed me back, but I have a feeling that I've exceeded his, like, I feel like because Joe Dante is such like a cartoon freak, that I'm probably like a welcome presence in his feed. That it's like, oh, here's more tweets about cartoons. Right. <clears throat> oh, he's one of the directors on Twilight Zone too, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just to give you an update, since I know you're not on social media, yeah. I'm just a few days away from the end of my Donald Duck thread. How long was that one? I'm on day, let's see, right now, I have, there have been a few periods where I've had to stop for like a week because I've been busy with something else, but I think I'm on day 129, day 129. Jeez, fucking, that's so long. Yeah. Every day? Every day. And, that, and I started that one, I had the Mickey Mouse thread for Mickey's 90th, and then the day after How come I... your Twitter hasn't been taken down? You're literally illegally rebroadcasting Disney animations. I don't know. I mean... Isn't it not illegal anymore? Aren't those... Aren't, aren't what you're putting up okay? No, he's putting up cartoons from, like, this year. Oh, I know. No, no. 
uh, I haven't got, I did that on the Mickey Mouse one, but on the Mickey Mouse one, I think I was also, I was linking to, like, here's where they have those. But. I don't know if that's, that, that legally puts you in the clear. Um, no, but it's true, Your Honor, that I did post tweets to every single Mickey Mouse cartoon. <laughs> And pretty soon, every single Donald Duck cartoon ever made. <laughs> um, I like how, like, uh, like this comes with the copyright thing, and someone's like, uh, have you looked at the Ratliff thing? It's like, what is it, a Twitter thing? Someone's posted, um, what is it, just a, a Mickey Mouse clip or two? No, not, not it's quite. all of them, sir. What, all of, no, wait, all of what? All, all of an entire episode? All of every cartoon we ever made. I don't think I realized you were doing that. Um, well, here's the thing. I, the most you can post on a tweet is two minutes and 20 seconds. So the longest I've ever posted of a cartoon is two minutes and 20 seconds. But then in the That's next such week, a long amount of time. But then in the That's next... That's not like, oh, it's just like five to 10 second little clips. But then in the next tweet, I'll post the next two minutes and 20 seconds. Connor. And then in the third tweet, I'll finish out the cartoon. Wait, so it truly is. Yeah. Oh, so, I... so you're truly posting mm-hmm. every depiction of Mickey Mouse ever put to film. In, th- in theaters. I didn't post all the Mickey Mouse clubs because I only had access to the first week of episodes. I, here's my thinking on it. Okay. I don't know if this is legally sound. It's not. I guarantee you what everybody say is not. Why are you guaranteeing? Because you're posting every single Mickey Mouse cartoon. Ever. Is this on Instagram? Is this the same? Because I'm not really on Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, those are more just like keeping an update of. The, you can only post a minute on Instagram. Right. So uh, that's not what you're doing more on Twitter. A lot more. Yeah, because he wants to make sure the entire cartoon is up. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was... Okay. And the... Maybe I should delete all these. Um, What's the worst that could happen? I don't know. Well, I've never gotten (laughs) to... You get... What if... I've never gotten to... If your life ended with you being sent to prison for 50 years... I... uh, For Mickey Mouse posting? (laughs) I mean, the sad thing is if I got that kind of prison sentence, I'd be dead immediately. I couldn't do it. Because um, of Mickey Mouse. Yeah. This um, is like your, the Brett Kavanaugh circle that you had formed. The, uh, I, I've never gotten a cease and desist message. And I've tagged Disney in every one of these Instagram posts. Um, my assumption is that they are aware. Uh-huh. And that they've done nothing to stop me from uh, doing this. And my assumption for this is that their general awareness of it is that me doing this Twitter thread is not actively preventing anyone from doing... Like, if anything, it'd be more likely to make people sign up for Disney Plus than to not. Right. That, like, it's it's low profile enough that the only time that it becomes... High profile is when like Mark Hamill will occasionally like some of the tweets. And I think my assumption is that it's under the radar enough that it's the people at Disney who know about it don't care. And that there are people at Disney who are like probably like 
this kind of thing isn't preventing anyone like even like people who are really into the thread, like Kevin Hines. Kevin Hines is a big fan of the thread. Sure. And what he says is he doesn't like watching them broken up into tweet form. So what he's doing is he's going to the DVDs or he's going to like a Disney Channel. He's going to like watch show them to his kid in the other form. So it's actually like serving more as promotion than as sure. uh, uh, t- it's not taking anything away. It's adding value to this stuff. Sure. Um, the just like when you posted the. Uh... Nebraska cut of Nebraska? <laughs> no, the entirety of... Um, American Job? American Job. It was more of like an, as an advertisement for That was American just a mistake. <laughs> that was just a mistake. It was um, an advertisement for you to go out and buy that movie. But... The, Connor, you know this logic. What? It doesn't hold much water. It holds enough. Um, it doesn't have to hold all the water. Um, I... But don't you think it's interesting that they haven't given me a cease and desist? <laughs> yes, I do. Why, I, why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to see how far you go to build the court case further <laughs> and further. It's like, it's like when like, the FBI is like, let's just keep tapping the phone and seeing what else he'll say. Well, let me look at how obvious is it that's like because on instagram i didn't even realize you were doing that because it's like you have to go to the last one to mm-hmm. yeah let's see if it's inconspicuous at all <laughs> okay. um well similarly but they're also all separate right so it's like you could see one and not realize that they're all connected right yes i think so like they're not they're on twitter they're one long threat I know, that's what I was setting you up for. (laughs) It's literally like the evidence connected by threads to each other. Yeah, it's it's the Twitter. The Twitter thread is the equivalent of like when the pebble goes through the poster in the Shawshank Redemption and they realize that like, wait, this goes all the way out of the prison. (laughs) Um, um, The, what I wonder is, well, like when I did the Elvis Costello thread, Yes. This is what's interesting to me because, like, years ago I had a Tumblr, and I think the Tumblr's still there, but, like, well, a ton of, most of these cartoons are also, like, on YouTube in various forms, and I'm sort of intrigued and fascinated by how these things work because any of these things can change with a moment's notice. Like, Twitter could change and suddenly these threads would just be gone. Right. Twitter actually has the power to do that. What's sort of nice, if you delete the top tweet does it all go away i don't think so i'd have to go through and delete thousands of tweets really here's what's fascinating to me it would actually become harder for me to find the other tweets maybe if i deleted the top one right it would be better to delete it from the end because i could just keep going <laughs> back up but if i delete the top one it would be a little bit like cutting the head off of a chicken and just right. run away um <laughs> when i did my elvis costello well years ago i had this tumblr I did this thing that was like a 40 Days of Elvis, Elvis Costello. Right. And there were a lot of clips that I couldn't find of songs. That I couldn't find links to YouTube or, or anything. And so I started uploading some of these songs to... I'd create a new Tumblr just to host these songs so I could have a way to link to these songs. Right. And eventually Tumblr started changing the way they like yeah. n- kept track of things. And some of my Tumblr started... The, the posts started disappearing... And the clips started disappearing. So now if you go back to that 40 Days of Elvis Costello, there's a lot of dead YouTube links. There's a lot of dead yeah. um, 
That's just like a normal thing that's happened over the years, which is like you'll sometimes you'll read an old article on like AV Club or Slate or something, and there'll be a YouTube clip, and it'll be like this clip no longer exists. Right. Um, the on Twitter, so I did this forty-five days of Elvis Costello thing. Right. Um. Tons of clips, and on that one, it was like I wasn't posting whole songs. I was posting two minutes and twenty seconds of a song, and then I was kind of like here's where you go to find these songs. So it was, to me, I felt like for that, it's like, this is an artist who is genuinely, like, if someone discovers Costello through this, it'll be the type of person who will be like, I'm going to go buy. Yeah. Uh, Like, my first experience with Costello was, like, dubbing tapes of all of my friend Jeff's CDs. And that was during the period where it was, like, home taping is killing music was the campaign. But the amount, the number of records that I ended up buying because of that initial act of yeah. pirating the tapes was like, oh, they more than like got their money from me because right. I bought those albums like three times on CD and twice on vinyl. Um, but so there's this Elvis Costello thread on Twitter that goes 45 days. And during that time, there's hundreds of instances of me posting clips to Twitter of songs that I don't have any right legally to post as clips. Right. Um, all of a sudden, one day, a few months ago, I got an email from Universal Music Group. I think it was, yeah, it was Universal Music Group, which owns most of music and which owns, like, um, the rights to a lot of Elvis Costello's catalog, I think. And it was, we have found that you violated copyright and it it wasn't for any of the Elvis Costello songs that they have the rights to. There was one day where I was posting clips from an episode of an MTV show that Elvis Costello hosted in the 80s. And it was little clips of the various music videos that he showed in that right. show. And in the middle of that, one of the clips was Whitney Houston, How Will I Know If He Really Loves Me. That was the clip. <laughs> and that tweet in this 2000 tweet thread... That tweet now features like uh, uh, like static, and it's like this media is no longer available. So UMG said we file a claim on this one single tweet. We had Twitter remove the media. The tweet is still there, but the media doesn't work in it. Right. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting because it literally is like, uh, like you've got like a vault full of like stolen treasure, and right. the police come by and they're like. We are taking this coin back, and you're like, because you would think once they see that they would be like, wait, who is this guy? And they would, what is this? And they're like, Twitter, deal with this guy. He's posted two thousand tweets, right? And we own like X percent. And well, there's a guy who had a New York Times article written about him a few years ago, who is known as the like main archivist. He doesn't work for Letterman or Worldwide Pants or anything. Yes, but he has all of the late night with their Letterman. He has them on VHS. On VHS. And he's been digitizing them and he's been posting them to YouTube and he's been like making this yeah. channel. And this is preservation work that no one, yes. NBC's not doing. Like the otherwise, these shows are going to be lost. The same way that like, uh, cause, well, because also, I don't know if you read the thing about UMG and the, the fire where all yes. the master tapes yes. were destroyed. And there's a ton of stuff that was lost. Yes. There. Part of the reason I heard that the REM monster reissue features like some concerts that are like not great quality. And someone was saying to me, and Mikey, Mike Yerg was saying to me, he thinks it might be because 
they recorded that whole t- uh, concert professionally because they were actually making new adventures in hi-fi on the monster tour. So they were recording everything. Right. So like, why are these bad quality concerts on the new reissue? And Mackie Erg is like, it's because the REM stuff burned up in that fire right. that they lied about. Do you know about this? No. I this is fascinating. This. It is fascinating. There's this long article in the New York Times Magazine, was it, a few months ago? You should definitely check it out. It's heartbreaking because it basically was like they were storing – Universal Music Group had access – they had this vault of all these masters, and there was a fire 12 years ago, something like that? Yeah. And they lied about how much was – they were like, don't worry, everything was backed up. Uh-huh. Turns out it's not true. Tons of like Buddy Holly's original. I think all of Buddy Holly's original master recordings were burned. Every there's just so so many artists who were counting on these masters being like and a lot of like estates that let them do store all the masters. Yeah, and then it all got destroyed, and then the estates were like, "Oh, where's all this stuff?" And they're like, "What? There was no backup." Yeah, there was no backup, and they lied about there being a backup. And, oh, I don't they, understand how you wouldn't have a backup. They hadn't done it because they don't. It wasn't a priority. It's just so crazy to me. Because I'm, I'm sure it's, it's a just lot of like, work to. It's a lot of work. It's a lot I'm of sure money. I'm sure it's one person whose job is to make sure, and they're just like, yeah, we're just going to get around to that stuff eventually, and we've got all this stuff, and we've got this new thing. And you it's know, the it's same like, reason that these companies, like you know, these are the same companies that you know, six years ago they burned all the copies of the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson because they were like, it's. Uh, taking up too much space. Yeah. You know, and so they lost like a decade of Tonight Shows because the company didn't think it was any value to it. Right. And that, like, uh, NASA taped over, was it NASA or someone? It was ABC they or NASA. Taped over the moon landing? Taped over the moon landing. Like the original master. Uh, Just so crazy to me. I film anything and I like, <laughs> I like give a hard drive to my sister and I like, I, I like having like four places. Well, yeah. I just can't imagine. And it like, also, it also, <laughs> It's it's one of those things where it, it also maybe explains why there's maybe no one paying attention to certain other areas of it because they're like yeah. we have our own problems we burned all of like we burned all of the Eagles master tapes what yeah. are we gonna you know we, we don't have time to chase after people on Twitter except for that one Whitney Houston clip which they made sure that they right took that away. is so strange that they did that and none of the Costello stuff you did it is strange well the, but the other thing is so there was this. Uh, there was a master tape fire. Um, what was I going to with that, though? Um, the there was something else about how they. Oh, specifically their strategy for when they were defending themselves for PR after the fire was they would come up with an example of an obscure thing that sounded unimportant. Like they actually talked about this as a strategy, which is like imagine if. Um, like what's, what's like a really unimportant TV show or something that sounds like, it would be like if all of the, uh, master copies of the Sopranos and, uh, uh, like all of HBO, like they lost Game of Thrones, they lost all, all of Sex and the City, all of Larry Sanders in a fire. And then they were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to say? And we're like, oh, uh. I th- I think everything's backed up. At most, we maybe lost a few episodes of not necessarily the news, and and yeah. I think maybe some of the commercials for Arliss. Right. Like they 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 came, some they, of the ma- some of the masters for um, what's the sex I think we lost taxi? A, yeah, we lost yeah. a few a few episodes <laughs> of Dennis Miller Live, and uh, the, you know it just like 
they specifically right. picked musical season five of Oz. Yeah, Taxi that, Cab Confessions. That's yeah, Taxi Cab. Uh, they specifically picked names of obscure acts that had been destroyed right. and threw them out as examples because that would give a com- that would make people feel like, oh, okay, it's not REM and the Eagles, and you know, it's not all of these major right. artists. It's uh, and that's like such a smart strategy, but also it's like there's that thing about consciousness of guilt, right. which is like. You deliberately said, like, oh, we may have lost, a, you know, a few albums by, by RGD and the Ricketts. You know, right. you're like, well, I never heard of that. I don't care if uh, some obscure artist from the 40s got burned. Named after a I never was gonna, infection. <laughs> I never was going to listen to that. So it kind of makes people think it's no big deal. Um, but the fact that Twitter has the capability to pull that clip from that one thing without destroying the thread, without deleting the tweets, leads me to believe that I could be wrong about this. I'm probably wrong about this. But I feel like if Disney wanted to stop me from doing these threads, they already would have done it. Listen, if they didn't want me to just walk out, they would have put up some sort of metal detector, some sort of a sensor thing. I like the, the defense of like, a guilty Listen, man. if I'm, uh, if I'm, if there, if I can do it, it must be allowed. You did say it was a very long time, right, before they even caught the Whitney thing. Yeah. How long was it? Not a year, but close to it. So it is possible that something's coming. Something's come. The hammer's coming. They just don't. They got bigger fish to fry right now. Or like they have the wrong address for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Connor O'Malley is getting. Yeah. No, what Connor is Radcliffe the is motivation for you to post all those? What is the motivation for that? Um, well, originally, I... Insomnia? <laughs> no, I bought the DVD that Warner Home Video came out with that was the first 101 Porky Pig cartoons. And I bought lots of DVDs over the years and never gotten around to watching them, especially stuff like that, where I'll yeah. be like, oh, I want to see these. And I realize, ah, I, I do, but I don't. It's a time investment. It's not purely entertaining. Some of it is, but it's also kind of like work. It's kind of like homework to watch a bunch of black and white Porky Pig cartoons from the 1930s. Right. It's not purely entertaining in the sense that I don't sit down and I'm like, all right, let's see what Porky Pig's up to. Oh, he's smoking a cigarette? Oh, no, Porky, don't do that. Oh, he learned a lesson. You know, that's, it's, they're not entertaining to me they were, they, the way they were when I was a kid. So I kind of made it a project, which is like, I'll live tweet these. I'll see what observations I have. I'll see what's interesting about... And what I noticed was it was interesting watching them in chronological order. And it was interesting noticing the way they would change, like their idea of whether he was a kid in some cartoons and an adult in others. And there was also a pattern of like, oh, he's back on a farm again. They must really like making him a farmer. And I watched these as a kid and they were all shuffled. They were all just in random order. And it was very interesting to watch them learn. Because you also watch as a character the same way that an actor is hot and then all of a sudden they're like, no, you're not a leading man anymore, you're a character actor. And now you're a character actor in movies that right. you're not even in very much of. And you know, and you, you watch them por- try to turn Porky Pig into a Mickey Mouse. They make him hot. Uh, no, you, you see them like, they think he's there. Well, first of all, one thing I realized was that is my- Is Mickey Mouse supposed to be attractive? Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. In the world of Disney, is he like hot? Yes. Yeah. He's, he's the ingenue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, but watching Porky Pig, one thing that I realized is a, a modern sense of Porky Pig was that 
oh, he's like the butt of the joke because he has a speech impediment. Right. He's a stutter. But I think there may be only one instance I could think of where his stutter was overtly like the the joke. Right. And it was a character who was like a monstrous asshole making fun of him. Right. He's the hero in most of the shorts. And the only stutter joke is that thing of trying to say a word and then saying a different word instead. Right. And that's... But in most cases, he's like the hero of the... So like him having a, a speech impediment is a little bit like Mickey Mouse having like a high voice. And it's like a weird thing about how he... It's like a characteristic, but it's not presented as like... I can imagine if you're a kid who has a speech impediment, you don't want to get compared to Porgy Pig. So there is like that aspect of it. Right. But there's also a part of me that would think, if you really watch these cartoons, there'd be a part of me that if I was a kid who had a speech impediment... uh well, I mean, I was a kid who had a speech impediment, and I never looked at but I didn't think I had one. Right. I remember actively thinking I didn't have one when they made me go to classes. I was like... I had one, too. What was I yours? Ours. Ours? How I, did you sound? I still have a hard time with ours. You sound great doing them. I would, like, W it. Red. Like Elmer Fudd? Red. Like Wabbit? Wed. Wabbit? Yeah, I would do that a little bit. Did you ever think... Of, did you think you had one? Uh, Not until they started doing it, and then I... I to this day I have to not think about it because if I try to say R I can't it sounds fucked up. Did you ever think Rude. when you heard Rude. Elmer Fudd that that was you? No. That that was making fun of you? No. Because I never thought that Daffy Duck or Sylvester were making fun of mine because I didn't think I talked that way. But right. I I had because there's that clip of me introducing the cartoon in the last right. episode of my dad's show and I pick a cartoon that was a Sherlock Holmes parody and the title of it is Deduce You Say. Right. Which is not a title that you would pick if you thought right. you had a sibilant to do fay. What was your speech impediment, Tom? SHs were hard. How did they sound? I, I think I just like, I think I had a tongue tie. Yeah. So R's were hard for me too. Yeah. So I think I, I couldn't do like shh. I couldn't get it. So it would just come out like <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't know either until um, I, I would like make these like, I would watch movies and like make picture books after and then have my mom film me. Yeah. And I didn't know I had a speech problem. And even though I had classes, I kind of had the same thing. Like, oh, everyone's doing this. Right. And then when I watched myself back, it just wasn't at all how I sounded in my head. I was really upset because I watched a videotape of me like presenting this book. Yeah. And my voice was so different than how it sounded in my head. I it's, think it's, I have a clip of mine somewhere. It's interesting because now that you say it, I can... There's a distinctive way that you talk that I've always liked uh-huh. that always to me felt more like you were just being uh, – had a careful way of talking. Yeah. That now I can see a roadmap back to like, oh, that began with trying to uh, repair a thing that you didn't – you know, that you were trying to yeah, correct. Yeah, for sure. For that sure. It's beca- it, sound- it comes out now as more of a like, no, I'm being thoughtful in the way that yeah. I'm expressing this to you. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, it oh. comes – yeah. Um. I have another thing. Sorry, I just sorry, I just interrupted because I have a thing that I completely remembered. Um, uh, shoot, just keep talking. Sorry, I didn't need to interrupt right then. Uh, no, I'm sure that's true. Because it was, I don't actually remember this, but my mom said it was very traumatizing for me when I watched that tape. Because up to that point, I didn't know. So it was also like, oh, I didn't know I, I sounded like that. I don't I didn't know I've sounded like this the whole time, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so then it made me certainly at the time not trust my voice. 
And I was, yeah. I was very self-conscious about it. Hold on one time. I'm just scheduling anything for tomorrow. Do it. Tom, can you just carry the podcast while we both do other... <laughs> yeah, no problem, guys. Um, it was 12-hour day with a time 11. I have a clip of me as a kid. Top five doing, chip cookies. I know, right? Doing a... God, I don't even know my... Do you ever have this where you don't remember what your accounts are for like basic things like YouTube? Totally. I don't know what my YouTube name is. <laughs> I'll create passwords sometimes. It's as if I'm trying to create something that is like used once and lights on fire, like Mission Impossible. Yes, I, I do the same no thing. Idea. What's a I good password that I would never, ever remember? I have a... Every password that I have is different. I never use a password. That's smart. But I do have some mechanisms that I use to get to those. Yeah, that, that would be my next question. Because then it's a weird thing if you have them written down somewhere. I do have them written down somewhere. Yeah. I have a book that has all of them. Oh, handwritten. Handwritten. I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, here, I think this will get That's smart. To... I'm just a little too lazy to do that. I am too, but I have so many accounts for so many things. I know. Okay, here we go. Sometimes it would be fun to share passwords just because it's like, what kind of password would you have? But then, you know, that would you, be can't, f- you can't do it. That would be such a bizarre <laughs> password sharing. What the heck? Where did these things go? I swear that I have... Do I have another account that I don't know about? Isn't that the weird thing when you're like, how many accounts do I have? You're going YouTube? Yeah. Oh, this is like something you privately uploaded. Yes. Yeah. But I swear this shouldn't be as, as hard to find as it is right now. Yeah. Um, Are they possibly linked together? They might be. That's so bizarre. Searching um, gears, JD. I'm really glad you like those chips. Oh, Connor, do you, Cape how Cape do you know about it? They're great. Russet. They're really good. Aren't they so good? Yeah. They're really, really good. Tom forced me to buy them. I did. Um, I, I, I strongly encouraged him. They had a two for five deal, which is a really good price for those. That's a premium ship. Um, to carry on with what I was explaining about how I got into this, after doing the Porky Pig oh, one, yeah. I decided on my own that I wanted to watch all the Roadrunner cartoons in order to uh-huh. see how the series changed short by short. And I also wanted to slot in, you know, there's those Ralph Wolf, Sam Sheepdog cartoons that... He looks like the coyote, right. but and there is like a similar dynamic. It's the one where he's like trying to steal the sheep, and it's that's like a spinoff series kind of. And I wanted to see like what was the interplay between those, and also there's the Wiley Coyote cartoons with Bugs Bunny. Yeah, I wanted to see where they fell in the because like the second Wiley Coyote cartoon was the one was one with him and Bugs Bunny, and I was like, wait, the Roadrunner wasn't even a recurring series when they already did one where he's talking and he's interacting with the. I was like, that's crazy. That's like finding out that. Like, Frasier became a show after two weeks of Cheers or something, where it's like, wait, right. what? You know, um, that didn't happen, but that it would be as if that happened. Um, so then I did that, and when I was doing that, I was promoting that you could watch most of these cartoons on Boomerang's app. And so at this point, I'm the most I'm posting are filmed clips of the cartoons, where I'm, like, holding up my phone and filming the TV screen. Then I think... With the Mickey Mouse shorts, that's when I start posting 
it was for like Mickey's 90th birthday and I had yeah. just done the the um Elvis Costello thread where I went through his whole career leading up to his new album and it was designed to like get people excited and promote awareness of the new album and that started getting people various people excited about it and there were different people who were following along it really was adding to the it, I was sort of considered that it's like a guerrilla version of being like a street team for a new album but it's me going rogue and doing it on my own to help try and get people interested in that Elvis Costello's new album out. And then there was all this attention to Mickey Mouse and the 90th birthday of Mickey Mouse. And it was weird to me because like ABC did a special that was like a tribute to Mickey Mouse. And it was so like crazy because you realize that like everyone was doing these things where they would come out and they'd be like, here's what everyone loves about Mickey. He's brave. He's loyal. He's always fun to have around. And I'm like, what the fuck is, what is this? Like, this is so disconnected from the fact that at one point this was considered the funniest cartoon character in the world. He basically like invented a certain kind of thing. And then later on, he was no longer the funniest character in the world, a cartoon character. But there was a period where he was considered the funny world's funniest cartoon character and the most popular. And... I was like, somebody should do something that's like celebrating this character in total. That's like, let's go through all his movies and talk about what they are in order. Because like, I was watching the show on ABC and I'm like, it's all these like people coming up and they're like, they'll sing a song and they'll like, someone will come out and be like, we've like, there's a great, what was the thing? Was it the Simpsons or was it Schoolhouse Rock that did? I think there was like Schoolhouse, no, it was uh, TV Funhouse, the Schoolhouse Rock parody yeah, that got banned because it was about like the Disney vault. Oh yes, and there was a part. The fu- one of the funniest jokes in that. There's a part where it's the two kids and they're like, "What else is in the vault?" And it's like "Song of the South" and all these right. other things. And at one point, the Mickey Mouse character says, "Like, uh, let's forget about that. What about all the times that uh, I made you laugh?" And one of the kid characters goes, "You're supposed to be funny," <laughs> and. That is such a funny burn on Mickey Mouse that it's like, we are a full, like, 80 years from the yeah. last time that Mickey Mouse made anybody laugh. Like, the, like right. and, you, and you watch through, and it is like watching an actor lose their star status. Like, Mickey Mouse gets a dog, and then at a certain point, it's just like, Mickey comes into the cartoon, the dog finds a weird bug, and we don't see Mickey again until the end. Right. And it's just like, you're no longer the star of this film series. Yeah. The last Mickey Mouse cartoon... Well, it's almost like he's uh, he's too high value of a character yeah. that they're not willing to risk him anything other than being like, well, go have fun. Yeah. I'll be here just being normal. And yeah, he, Nothing controversial. The final Mickey Mouse cartoon was released in theaters in like 1952, oh, I think. And there wasn't another Mickey Mouse cartoon until Mickey's Christmas Carol in like 84. Right. And there was like no fanfare about it. There was no like... This is the last one. It was just like an ordinary one. It's like, we're done. And then there was like Mickey Mouse Club where he's like the host at the beginning of it. And then it's it's that thing where it just became like too valuable an icon for you to ever do anything interesting in a movie. Whereas like Donald Duck's whole thing was like, I'm an asshole. And so he could do interesting. But Mickey was the original asshole. He was the guy who he starts off and he's like, I want to hear a song. And he like goes up to an animal and is like, I'll pull your tail to make the song. Open your mouth, rhino, clonk, clonk, clonk. I hit your teeth. Uh, Is it ever referenced as someone who's watched every Mickey Mouse cartoon? Yeah. Is it ever referenced that Mickey Mouse has a pee-pee? Um, I don't 
No. I don't remember any reference to that. So it's not necessarily canon that he has genitalia. I don't think... He never goes, ah, my balls. Well, first of all, he wouldn't sound like that. Ah, my my nuts. Do your best Mickey Mouse impression saying that. Oh, oh, my balls. I can't get high. You can't get that high? That's interesting. Oh, 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 my balls. Oh, my balls. My balls. It, it like, stops. You get raspy when you go up there like a real macho man, like Jack Palance. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my balls. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, my balls. (laughs) Oh no, my balls! Oh, oh my balls! This is the weirdest audio. Oh no! Hey! Oh boy! Look at my balls! Oh boy, my balls! See, I can't get up What there. does it mean to have watched every Mickey Mouse cartoon? What's oh. the, like, what's the, is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, love, I love everything about the way you phrase that question. What's it mean? <laughs> Because like, I don't know. It if sounds like up. it sounds like a dad sitting out their kid who, like, a teacher was like, "Your son was butt chugging at school." <laughs> What's it mean? What's well, it? I like. What I, I, I just think of that. Like, I, I guess I don't know what that. Real, I think of that as almost like it must be close to infinity. No. What is what is the total running time? Oh, they're like six or seven minutes each. Right. Right. But how many are there? Well, <laughs> let me look. I'll, I'll tell you how many days it was. Well, because also when I was doing the Mickey Mouse thread. I thought I was just going to do all the theatrical ones. Right. Which leads up to a certain point. And then I realized that they're making new Mickey Mouse cartoons, most of which just go up on YouTube. But they were, they're made like for Disney Channel and for online and everything. And they were like, it doubled the length of the thread to do the modern ones. Right. And the modern ones, they're made by the guy who did Powderpuff Girls. And they have a little bit more, they owe a lot more to like. Right. There's a point where Disney loses the, the cultural battle for what. Cartoon, what classic cartoons are because Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out and it was sort of like decided by culture that what a cartoon was was like Warner Brothers and Tex Avery MGM which is like cartoons that kind of wink at the audience and go like ain't I a stinker right Disney was really better at a certain kind of like not realism but a certain kind of authenticity or something where it's like slower patient physical comedy that was a little more grounded in the way the body actually works sometimes yeah. And it, Warner Brothers was like, we're never going to be as good at animation as Disney, so we're going to try to be funnier. Right. So they were a little bit spoofier. They were a little bit like, uh, but there's like, like before, there's like all this stuff that like Disney got to first, but now Warner Brothers sort of has a reputation for because they did it in a way that was like a little funnier right. and has held up as like a little hipper. I did 229 uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons. And they're each about six minutes. No, the more modern ones, I would say the last like 90 of those or whatever are, or last 100 of those are like um, three or four minutes. So the, the newer ones are shorter. Um, so it's a lot, but it's not that many. But yeah. And the point is. It sounds to me like I watched every Mickey Mouse cartoon. Like that sounds like. I've had a happy meal at every McDonald's in the world. Like, it, it doesn't... But I, mean, I guess, it might be. I guess, how I guess many McDonald's are there? Let's see. Should we see how many McDonald's? Yeah. I also found my, the clip of my speech impediment. Great. Oh, good. I have one, too, but it's not on YouTube. How many McDonald's are there? 
operates 37,855. That's a lot more. There's 250 in the five boroughs of New York. Okay. Um, so it'd be like having a happy meal at every... Every New York. New York. New York McDonald's. Doesn't sound as impressive, though, does it? No. Because when I think about it, I'm like, I can think of three. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Like, if you, you could probably trick me if you were like, you have to get a happy meal at every McDonald's in New York. I'll be like, I'll do it. And I'll be like, oh, shit. That's hundreds. <laughs> I thought it was dozens, maybe. Um, that was 42nd Street, 23rd Street, Queens. Well, yeah. I, I, did the Mickey Ma- <laughs> I did the Mickey Mouse thread, and then it was basically had arrived at Donald Duck's 85th birthday. Yeah. And so the day after I ended the Mickey Mouse thread, I started the Donald Duck thread, and people were like, no. uh, which I do have a habit of doing that, which is like, I yeah. have a bit that's long, and then on the day it's over, yeah. I'm like, guess what? It's not over. Yeah. Um, the day after the Donald Duck thread ends, which will be in the next two weeks, I'm going to do Goofy, oh my uh-huh. God. and then I think I'm done. Sure. How long is Goofy going to be? I think not as long. I think there are fewer Goofy cartoons. So like 100 days. Something like that. But see, here's the thing, Tom. He's not just watching them. He's also ripping the video for all of them, know, writing posts the and uploading how them much, all to Twitter. How much time does that take? Not long. Okay. Um, but like over the course of the full thing. Like every day it takes a few minutes. It takes seven minutes to watch it, a few minutes to post the tweets. Yeah. Um, do and you screen record while you watch? How do you do it? Do you mean? rip from YouTube? Sometimes it's from stuff that's already up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and uh, the... Yeah, how do you get I all mean, this I mean, you're video? a pro at that from all the Secret Man there is, promos, right? What? There is something that Connor's concealing right now. <laughs> no. There's I just some, don't want to say any more there's stuff. There's some detail about how you're recording any, these. I don't want to say any more stuff on a podcast that... <laughs> I'm increasingly convinced that's going to end me up in a trial. But there's like... If they're not looking at your tweets, they're definitely not going to hour 10 of this podcast. Yeah, but this is dramatic. It feels like there's... You know what? feels like there's like another jury, method or two that you're not... Perfect, you don't feel great about that you do. If a jury hears this... Write it down. It'll be like the end of Citizen 4. They won't be able to hear, but we'll be able to read the secret. Um, What would a jury want to hear me say? <laughs> Well, here's the thing, and and this is where I feel like there's a. This is where I feel like there is a. Uh, I may not have the law on my side, but there's a certain amount of morality on my side. Here's what you have to say. What? That all of your comments here are in context of what has been said throughout this entire podcast. Yes. So if this is going to be used as evidence, you must listen to the entire twelve-hour day. And I would say, in order to understand, and I think this by that episode, time you'll have built enough goodwill. I also think this episode only makes sense legally. I do feel it would be unfair to listen to this episode and not listen to the previous sixteen episodes. Yes. Of twelve-hour day, because this is a built character. Yeah. Because there are things that sound bad for me on this tape. That only makes sense if you've listened to every episode of this podcast and probably come to see a few of my shows. Um, <laughs> and follow him on Twitter. And I would encourage. Wait, that, no, don't, no, no, no. Never mind. Don't follow him on Twitter. Don't follow him on Twitter. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I would encourage. That's not going to help. If That's this tape good. gets played, that they also want to take the jury to see a few shows just to get a sense of me. <laughs> yes. Um, no, here's the thing. Legally, I, I don't know the law. Just like the how uh, 
uh, currently, like, nobody in the Trump administration seems to have, uh, have to follow. If they get a subpoena, they just ignore it. And a lot of the defense that the president has said has been, uh, uh, I didn't know what I was, like, a lot of people are saying the president didn't know what he was doing, and that's, like, the legal defense. And that seems to have worked so far. So I'm, I'm within a culture legally where I'm, I'm taking my cue from the commander-in-chief uh, uh, of the country that it seems like you, if you don't know what's going on, that's a defense. Right. Traditionally, ignorance of the law has not been uh, a justifiable defense, but it seems to be a thing that's right. working. Um, I, I mean, it seems like we already know what's going to happen based on the Whitney Houston thing, right? It would just be that. Yeah, they should just, they pull, just it. pull it. Twitter has the power. Twitter is a company that has all the power here. They have allowed me to post these things. It's not like uh, you're selling them. I have tagged Disney uh, many, many times as a way of informing them so that they have knowledge. Right. And I assume from their silence that there is a, at least a, a form of approval of what I've done. I've taken it. I've certainly taken it that way. Now, inference isn't uh, <laughs> exculpatory, but... Certainly, it means something that I have been very open and transparent that I'm doing this for the Disney company as an act of uh, preserving their legacy and promoting it in order to keep this IP an active part of the culture. Right. Um, but I will also say that the notion of copyright has become somewhat insane due to the fact that like, there are a lot of things that should have fallen into the public domain a long time ago, but they keep kicking the can down the road, and Disney has been a big part of that. I think it's time. JD was wearing a full NASA. I've seen that clip in that video. I've seen that clip several times, and I love it. Is it true? I would I would imagine you went so much more all out with your costume than the other kids in the class. Is that accurate? Uh, I think I I I went for it. I made it myself, which I was proud of. Yeah. So here's the thing that you guys will appreciate. So, have I talked about the meatball eater, Connor? To you? No. Okay. There are things in our lives that we remember from our childhood. Um, flashes of things, whether it's movies, TV shows, cartoons, that we can't remember. Right. You have images of them, flashes, things that you're like, oh, this is something that I remember, but I don't know quite what it is. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of those recently. And in the past six months, I have resolved a few of them. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, 
here is one of the things that um, was stuck in my mind. I remember there used to be those specials, those TV shows that were like behind the scenes making of movies. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, I loved those because, again, there was no internet. There was no way to find this stuff other than if you just happened to be clicking channels and you saw it pop up and you were like, oh, my God, here it is. And I loved monster stuff as a kid. And it like made my eyes go wide. And I remember there was one where they're behind the scenes of some monster movie. And at some and it's like this cool thing where there's these like all these monsters in like a row going down this like dark hallway and it's really creepy and scary. It's like a hallway or like a tunnel of some sort. There's a guy running away from them. And all I remember is at one point they're like, and one of the monsters, the meatball eater, is da 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 da. And I was like, had this stuck in my head because I've watched so many horror movies and I'm like, what monsters were though? And the meatball eater was like had this like circle mouth with like teeth and i was like what possibly could that be and now as an adult i've seen so many horror movies that i couldn't figure it out so for years and years and years and years years online every like year or two i would google and look up and try to figure out what that was and i'd look up meatball monster horror movie hallway and then i found all the episodes of like you know Movie magic and all of those specials, and none of them had anything referencing this. Yeah, I, I truly like once a year I would spend like three hours being like, "Can I find this?" And then this had to be like six months ago on um, the Flop House, the podcast like Elliot Kalin and all of them, where they like review movies, and Elliot Kalin always references whatever movies. He made a reference to the monsters. He's like, or some of the best monsters, like the monsters that were in. Um, uh, from the Mouth of Madness. And in my head, I was like, wait, the monster's... I don't know the Mouth of... And I was like, for whatever reason, it clicked in my head. I was like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the Rosetta Stone. And so I look up in the Mouth of Madness, and it is those monsters. And this is this um, bizarre... Um, what's his name? John Carpenter movie. Mm-hmm. That, I remember seeing a preview for this. That flopped. Right. It wasn't great. And there's one scene at the end where there are monsters in it. That's it. There's no monsters in the whole movie. It's not a monster movie. There's one scene at the end. And I looked it up, and then I was able to find on YouTube the behind-the-scenes featurette that is the exact frame for – it is the exact thing I remember. And I ripped it, and I, I have it now in my whatever personal inspiration right. folder. I have a folder where I keep all of these things. Inspiring clips. Yes. So here it is. This is the thing that I looked for for maybe 20 years and now have finally found. You know, rubber monsters in the dark that look like scary monsters. So uh, I've got to go back to the old days. At KNB Effects Group, a crew of 25 under the supervision of creature creator. It feels so good to see us. I spent the last 12 weeks fashioning living nightmares out of urethane foam and latex. The results of their labor is known simply as monster mass. When this creature's all put together up on location, uh, it spans about 18 feet long and 18 feet across. It's going to take about 15 people to make this thing come to life while we're shooting. And you can see as a kid why you'd be like, this is so cool. While others operate cable and radio controls to animate heads and limbs. The challenge is for the team of puppeteers to work in sync. Creating the illusion of a single beast with a clear goal to track down leading man Sam Neill. 
While Sam eluded prehistoric predators in Jurassic Park, he may not be so lucky this time. For the climax of In the Mouth of Madness, Monster Mass is joined in its pursuit by a few friends, including Crab Monster and Meatball Eater. I like Meatball. He's a nice guy. He's got some ferocious, ferocious gums going. The lesson of this movie is clear. With a somewhat off-center imagination, a few hundred pounds of foam and urethane slime, and a group of talented puppeteers, nightmares can come true. That's it. It's amazing that that still exists, but how all those tapes got burned. <laughs> yeah. I, wa- I wonder. Uh, I wonder if, like, wonder where Meatball Eater is. You know what I mean? Well, it's sort of like um, how Hoggle is at the. Uh, Airport museum. Yeah. But but there was a thing that was... Like, I bet it's, like, in someone's weird basement. There was... Or it's in the trash. Did you watch Deadwood at all? No. No. I feel like you would love... My friend's dad is in it, though. Oh, really? Yeah. There was an actor... Because Deadwood had a reunion movie this year that was great. And it was, like... This was a thing I never thought would happen because it was one of those things that, like... It was just too much time had passed. And it's like, they're never going to let them do it. And... It ended in such a weird way. Yeah. And then everyone who worked on that show seemed to want to like come back. Even if the, there was an actor whose character was like killed in the last episode of right. the third season who wanted to come back. And he's like, let him, let him know I'll, I'll like be an extra. I'll wear a hood over my head. I'll do whatever. Wait, let me see if that... What? I want to see if my friend's dad is... Yeah. And they had made What's a... Deadwood? The movie? Was it Deadwood, Deadwood the, movie? the movie, yeah. Um, My dad's obsessed with Deadwood. With Deadwood? He's I, watched the whole thing like three times. I love it. Have you ever watched it? I couldn't get into it. It might take a little while for you to get into it, but I, I would try it sometime again because there is... It gets richer as it goes along. That's what he says. He loved the movie as well. Yeah. The movie was no, devastatingly good, and it was also like... David Milch, who wrote it, uh, is basically going through Alzheimer's. He's like succumbing yeah. to Alzheimer's. And so when they were making the original series, he would come down and like give these, like, he would be always on set, always like writing and speechifying and talking to people. And when he was doing the movie, he's aware that he's like clearer at some times than at others. He would basically have to pre write his like things he was going to come say to people. So he'd come down with like, right. I've, I've collected my thoughts to tell you, which I think is like this really like beautiful thing while also being like horrific. Yeah. It's really wonderful that he was able to, and the movie is also about like, there are themes in it that have to do with like getting older and letting go and realizing, you know, and, uh, but there was an actor who wanted to be in it who was like, my character died in the last episode. And, uh, they were having to get stuff out of storage that they, that had been in the studio and they had made a, that every time a character uh, was killed in this town, one of the ways that they would get rid of the bodies was there was this character named Mr. Wu who had these hogs and they would feed the bodies to Wu's hogs. Right. And the, so it would be like a way of getting rid of the evidence of the, of the murders. Right. And 
So they would have to sometimes make body doubles of the actors to have the uh, the scenes where they're, they're going to throw these bodies to the hogs. And I guess they made one for this actor, but never filmed the scene of his body being fed to the hogs. So this dead body double that they made in the sky just got thrown into some like storage room. Right. And then someone that was either working on the Deadwood movie or on something else entirely, and someone who knew this guy was like going through stuff and was like, wait a second. Because there's just like a replica of this guy, yeah. of his like, and there was like, of just like his like rotted like dead body that just sat in. They hadn't used it, so it just got tossed into some cupboard and just sat there right. for like a decade. And then he was like, sent him a picture of like, I found this. It's your, uh, it's your body double thing. But it makes me wonder, meatball eater. Right. It strikes me as there's so many things in this world that I feel like. If they're not thrown out, they're tucked away somewhere. So there's a chance that Meatball Eater got thrown out. I would imagine, because I think this movie was a flop. Yeah. But you never know. This could be the best ever birthday gift for you. Would you be angry if I got you Meatball Eater instead of the alien from Sharp Rimage? If I was literally like, Merry Christmas, so J.D. we had this conversation of, Connor was like, if I got you the like... Full, uh, the full alien that they used to sell oh, in yeah, Sharper Image. Right. Xenomorph. The Xenomorph. He's like, would you be mad? And I was like, I think I would. <laughs> but like, seriously, JD, like, if instead of like, like you move this easel a little bit and just here you just have like. like instead of being able to make artwork, if there was just Well, instead of that lamp, giant... like move, a, put a light instead on the wall. Light... No, put a light, hang a light on the wall in that space there. So you got your room lit. And in that corner, you have just the Xenomorph. To what end? Well, I'm if not you're even mad a big about the alien, you might be mad about Meatball Eater too. But I'm not a big alien space. So you Meatball would, Eater. Meatball Eater is probably takes up more room than the Xenomorph because it looks yes. like his dimensions are a little bit less convenient. Yeah. But would you be really angry if I got you Meatball Eater, the original? I would donate it to the Museum of Moving Image. That really upset Connor. That upset Connor. That really upset Connor. You but, would donate it to a museum. I got it for you, it, but with my name on it. So people would go to the museum and say, what's this thing? <laughs> That's J.D. Amato? No, 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 no. They'd go, they'd go, uh, courtesy, of, eater, courtesy of J.D. Amato. If you loaned it to the museum. Yes, I'd loan it to them. You wouldn't give it to them. No, no, no. It would be mine. Because eventually you might live in a bigger house where you have room for meatball eater. I would have a room for meatball eater. Have you seen the thing about the Death Star? No. There's a video McCurby. online. I'll just paraphrase it. I forget the word every... What? What's the word again? McCurby? McCurby? McClunky. 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 Apparently, uh, the original model of the Death Star yeah. got thrown out after Star Wars. There's a video online that someone put in this. It got thrown out uh, after they made the first Star Wars. And it was like this like foam right. wood thing or whatever. And somebody rescued it. And... It ended up in a junk shop in Missouri. And somebody noticed it and was like, I think that's the original Death Star. And they called Lucasfilm and they were, oh, I think it was that they bought it. They went back to buy it and it had been, someone else had bought it. And it was a, like, it was like a strip club had bought it. And it was a strip club that was called like Space World or something. Yeah. And it was like a futuristic like strip club in Missouri. And 
the guy who got the money to buy it went to this place and was like, I want to buy them. Like, no, we, we are using it to like redesign this yeah. place. And then time passed and they heard that this strip club was like going out of business. So we went to see like, do you have that thing? And they were, and everything had been sold. Like all the fixtures, everything yeah. was sold. And all that was left was this big, weird round trash can. And they went over and they had like cut a hole in it and they were using it as like a trash can. So he got this thing. It was a strip club trash can. Yeah. And so he got this thing. Maybe it's all fake, but this is a video yeah. that was on YouTube that was going through and was showing all this stuff. And then it was, he basically like this guy, I think they called Lucasfilm at one point and they were like, we have the Death Star. And they're like, no, you don't. The Death Star was thrown out. I was like, I have the Death Star. Do you want it? And they were like, no, it was thrown the out. The Death Star was destroyed ages ago. <laughs> and didn't you pay attention? Oh, you stopped watching before the end? Uh, no, it's still there and bigger. They're rebuilding it. I'm afraid it will be fully operational. Yeah. Um, then this guy just had it in his house for a long time. And then it, I think eventually he was like, I don't need this anymore. And like they donated. I think it was part of the tour when they were like touring with it. They like donated it back. But it was just fascinating watching how this thing was basically just like a big piece of junk yeah. that nobody wanted. Well, it's like the Letterman set. Yeah. I still have the Letterman, the last episode of Letterman on my DVR. I have, uh, I think I have like 20 some episodes, including the last one on my DVR. And I gradually am, every now and then I'll just watch one. But then every now and then I'm like, well, I can't delete that one. Yeah. Because I have the last time that, um, oh, who's the, I'm blanking on the name, the, the woman who would perform the uh, uh, Christmas song every year on Letterman. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, um, I can't remember, but I'm just, I've, the name escapes me. But uh, the last time she was on, yeah. and yeah, there's so many that I can't delete. I have the last Daily Show, too. I don't have that. Yeah. The John Stewart Daily Show. Because that ends with the like party. Born yeah. to run, right? Born to run, yeah. Um, if anyone listening to this knows how to find the meatball eater, that's what I was thinking. There's lots of fans. If anyone that, has the meatball, if anyone has the meatball eater, Flower Day could find it for JB. I feel like you should own that. Well, I, there are so many things like that. I remember we visited the years ago the Guar Warehouse, right? Where the band oh my Guar. god, I remember. I love that video so much. Of Gether, is that the one where he yeah. like called and it was the voicemail now or yeah. something? The Death Pit or something? Yes, exactly. I watched that video so many times. I thought it was so funny. Because that was when you were just starting UCB also. Yeah. Just that that voicemail of him asking to see the Death Pit. Um, Oh, yeah. You were there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when, like, I remember the the stage show where, like, it was, like, sending you all off. off. It was, like, you, Riley, and... Right. And that was right before parentheses. Yeah. How much before? Uh, actually, probably no, a little bit. That was a while before parentheses because we didn't decide to. Gather didn't start decide to start teaching until we had done. Oh no, that was America Gathered. That was it was right after oh. because on America Gathered was when he was like, ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach again. I want to give people like you notes, and I was like, I don't have any notes to take. <laughs> so yeah, that was right. That was probably like six months before America Gathered for parentheses. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was a time when. Um, I still remember this moment because that was I was an intern at UCB and I remember being in the office and I sat 
facing the wall. And behind me was the desk that was Will Hines, Eric Tenoy, who else? Um, and other people that worked there. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> good, good... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I supposed to remember Neil Casey coming in, who his desk was right around the corner there because he did the IT, IT department. Yeah. And he was telling Will Hines about there's this new student who's like the best improviser ever. He's like, he's like, this is the funniest, the funniest performer at UCB right now coming up is this guy Tom Levin. Oh, that's he was funny. like, Tom Levin is the best improviser in the new batch of students by far. And Will was like, yeah, you've to- been telling about this guy. He's like, he's the funniest. You have to see him. He's like, he is the best. Connor and I met in Neil's class. Really? Connor uh, and Catherine. That was, mm-hmm. was kind of how I'm too fragile for this. It was kind of born out of oh, that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize, realize that. I didn't realize Neil thought you were so much better than me. No, no, no. This was after. By far, <laughs> he said. No, no, no. I Connor, don't disagree. I don't disagree. Connor, Connor, this was after Ratliff Fest or whatever, I believe. What do you mean? What's no Ratliff way. Fest? Uh, when you did the movie oh, this... class? Mm-hmm. The movie class? No, this would have been before the movie class. That we took that. We took, that, was four, were, that was four. That was four. Five. No, no, it was, it was five. A five. It was a five hundred one. Okay. That would have been before the movie. Okay, so maybe it was. A, but anyways, I was paraphrasing. The point being. No, you weren't. You were so precise, Connor. Why are you taking this compliment about Tom's performance, and turning it into a, a slight against you? It's not. We've told. If the, I put it in context, it makes it a bigger compliment. We've told the story. Time and time. That's an insult to me because it makes it sound like it's lowering Tom. I'm raising him up. No. What? We know that Neil likes me. If Neil's assessment included me in the thing where the best improviser you see be by far is Connor, Tom Levin. Pa- I was paraphrasing. I don't know the exact I don't words know. he used. You sounded pretty confident saying that. You're holding that mic like you know what you're talking about. Connor, why, you, what I'm saying is you've this diverted this story a, about a, how it was a different time, Connor. But also, yes, of course, <laughs> you diverted pretty, the story that was about how Tom was regarded no. as a, a wonderful improviser and made it about what how that fits into your story. Meteoric this rise to ascension. Tom is a guest here. That's true. I am a guest. Let me no. How has it raised me up? It's like that scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where Brad Pitt. Have you seen it? I'm not saying it's raising you up. I'm saying have you seen it? You're making it about you. Why don't you answer it? Why don't you answer it? What's the question? Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. All right. Wait, is that the, the Tarantino? Yes, I have seen that. Yes. The scene where he fights Bruce Lee. Uh huh. It's not about or this. This is my read on it. It's not about like diminishing Bruce Lee as so much as you want to see that Brad Pitt's character can hold his own in a fight with him. Yes. It's a way of showing that. Well, it's the same dynamic that. The, the Pacino character talks about early on, which is like, if you show the, the hero fight someone else, it's a way of I'm like, waiting for this to be not about you. It's going to partly be about me because Tom and I are in each other's lives. We're friends. Okay. Are you asking me to remove myself from Tom's life? <laughs> remove yourself from this story about how Tom was such a good improviser. I'm adding the... Con- if, <laughs> if this was a story about a guitar lessons class taught by Jimmy... Which it's not. <laughs> taught by Jimi Hendrix. Okay. And... There was another famous guitarist who was in the class. Right. Someone who's like, has a slight, it would be like less, a, less well known, but like people know like, oh, that person isn't known as a good guitar player. Right. And then we find out that Jimi Hendrix is like, the best guitar player in that class by far, by far, is this person. 
that rises the level of the compliment. What I'm saying is that Neil's assessment, which I am not disputing, I am agreeing with, is that yeah. I was in a class with Tom and yeah. Neil's assessment that he proclaimed publicly in front of everyone, including just passers-by in the office. <laughs> No, was no, I worked in the office. You worked in the office? Now you're now you put yourself the story and removed me out of this. What were you? I was the intern. That's a passerby. Oh my god. I feel like I feel like this is leading to some like Daniel Plainview esque <laughs> yeah. where you like make me do too proud with you so you can I would love destroy to destroy me. No. <laughs> When have we ever not had fun doing improv? We've always had fun doing improv. But I, Connor, I don't destroy an improv. Connor, we, see this, this, all of the similes that you've made mm -hmm. don't make sense because Tom and I don't do improv anymore, really. Well, that's that's not my fault, right? But the point is, there was a long period where I was doing improv once a year at DCM with the Shucks. Mm -hmm. Yes, and no, then DC, no, right. and then and then that's the end now. And you won't you, fly to LA for it. I'm not, <laughs> not going to fly to LA and they I don't think they're asking us to. Anyway, Tom was a fantastic improviser. He is. I like this story. And I like to put it in full context, which is that Tom and I were classmates in Neil's class. Okay. And when and Neil liked me. Yes. Neil was a person who like Champion me and vouched for me and helped me, I think, understood the Herald. I think it was Next his recommendation of that. Neil Casey's assessment is that if you think I'm good at improv, wait till you see Tom Levin, who is by far a better improviser. And I don't disagree with that. That's not what I was saying. Nor was it what no, Neil, Neil was saying. No, Neil Casey was saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't I'm try to get out of it. I don't I'm, claim that. I'm going to go out on a limb and disagree with that, Connor. That's because you're self-effacing. I was paraphrasing so a precisely. compliment that Neil was making. And I agree with that compliment. And the we have no... Connor, the I need a break. The compliment <laughs> was not about in comparing Tom. You know what? I'm going to revise what I said. Neil didn't say he was by far... Tom said... He said there's a... Neil said there's a very funny improviser named Tom Levin who's very talented. That's what he said. As, as I can recall, that's what he said. And so my issue is not with the excellence of Tom as an improviser or the excellence of you as an improviser. It's with you making a statement that was supposed to be about Tom it's into something that Tom. was comparing your guy's skills. It's still about Tom. Because and here's why it's different also. Yeah. Because Tom and I both know that you are a better improviser Don't than us. Don't do that. I'm not fishing. We know that you're better in front than us. We're just different. The Race. entire planet Earth knows. Tom, how long were you on Herald Night before you were put on a weekend team? I was never on Herald Night. That's like asking, name all the movies Terrence Malick made in the 80s. <laughs> what? Why is that? Tom Levin is someone who got out of the game. Yes. My point is... Part of the reason is... You, you know had what? a meteoric rise. Yeah. And you continue to, <laughs> to surf the crest of your talent as an improviser. Surf being the operative word. Coasting. Just coasting on charm. <laughs> okay, now you're being self yeah. basically. Tom... It was actually uh, the Shuckfest where... Uh, I don't even think I told you this, but what? do you remember Shuckfest? Yes. So, Everyone uh, remembers Shuckfest. Shuckfest at the Jump on 3 show. It was a Jump on 3 show... You guys would do really interesting creative things. Yes. Where you would do twists. One of the twists was a Jump on Three show. It was actually a Shuck show. Yeah. yeah. And it was Shuck Fest. Yes. Um, that was the show. Like, like, 
there are like magical moments in improv where someone yeah. like levels up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you were already like incredible. You were already just uh, you were you are you are already like clearly Connor's, Connor's clearly that this did turn into just it is well it is you were clearly like carrying the team and there was a moment on on this it was like we were on the back line and it was kind of like what the fuck is happening that you sounds you, selfish you, you had leveled up to this level where it was just you were, you were just like like destroying every scene Here's and it the, was this like. When did this happen? Well, when I remember there were rumors and murmurs when he was in the movie class of, you guys should go see this movie class. There's this guy, Connor Ratliff, who's basically having a coming out party on stage every uh, Tuesday night. And so people gathered to see Connor perform. Be like, who's this new guy that's like, like doing incredible movie class performances? Yeah. When you were in advanced level classes... You actively expressed that you were not interested in being on Herald Knight. I don't even remember that. You were. And, I, and it was impressive to me because you never tried, you never auditioned for Herald Knight, right? No, I did. I auditioned you did? When did you audition Knight. for Herald Knight? I auditioned. You did, like a, did you do an early one, like one of those, like, let's try it out, what, the first time eligible? I did, no, I did. Um... You were in the callback. You were in the like one that was that was invite only. Yeah, I was in that one, and then I auditioned because that was the one that I was in. Were we in the same group even? No, but that was I think that was that. Yeah, I think that was the time that was like creature. Yes, that was creature Decker. Decker. Yeah, so I was I auditioned that time, and then I the time before as well, which was. I don't remember. That was the I, last, Mr. Crime? The time before was Mr. Crime, last Anthony King. Yeah. And then the next I one was... Those times. Yeah. What do you remember of your audition? Um, well, the, the, the invite one was like, I think literally the worst scene I've ever done. Really? Yeah. I think literally. Do you remember anything about what it was about? Um, the only time I auditioned was a bad audition. It was just bad. There was like nothing funny about it. It was just like horrible and sad and bad. And then I remember it was like the second beats were coming and it was like, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I, how, like, I need to, like, I need to like get us out of what we did. And then it just like went like right back where we left off. And it was just like, I really truly think it was the worst scene I've ever done, which doesn't feel good in a, yeah. in a Herald callback. Uh, I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about now, J.D. Oh, now it's about me. Now it's me. No, I... Well, I remember there was a point where... Because I actually... I, and I maintain this, that I don't think I ever would have gotten placed on a team through the auditions. I think... You're so wrong about that. It's insane. I, no, because I just don't... It's insane that I don't, you think that and you still stick to that. I don't think even if I auditioned now that I would have a great shot at Connor, it. Connor, right, you're, you're right, so Connor. You're insane. Right, no, no. I, you are so insane. That's not about talent. It has to do with the way the auditions are set up. Because I don't do second beats. I don't edit scenes. There's things I don't do. Connor, when you got on Herald Night, I yeah. remember we had a shucks practice. Yeah. And you were talking about how you're going to be the shortest tenured Herald Night person because they're going to cut you so fast. And it was, was very not, endearing because you meant it. And but you know we what? all knew you were, I was also you were not right, wrong. but you were right for the wrong. You were right because you were going to get added to Death by Ruhr or the Stepfathers in like five seconds. And you um, were. Right. You spent what? Four weeks on Herald? No, Day? I was on a full like eight months. It was like not that. eight months. It was. It was like January through. Uh, it was nine eleven weekend when I got added to the Stepfathers. 
There's no improv audition process on in the planet. No, I didn't. I never got a callback. The one time I did an audition, right? I didn't get but a that callback. was before you yeah. you turned into your but then, was like. But then there was a period. I'm surprised you ever auditioned because my only memory is I remember there was a period where people were like, "Are you auditioning for Harold Knight?" And you were like, "I don't have any interest in being on Harold Knight." You were. You were not interested in doing Heralds or being on Herald Night. You were like, I just want to work on... Yes, that it was, is, that it was is, a period. We were all part of a collective group of people that were like, fuck the system. Yeah. We and you were like, I want to do my own work. Stuff. It is true. I never, like... I was surprised. It was not Tom's be-all, end-all. I was surprised how into improv I got. Because I was only, when I first started taking it, I was taking it as like a, I was so scared to do it. And I, I like took it, I viewed it as a kind of therapy. Because when I, I thought it'd be good to do, and I was so scared in 101 in a way that like didn't even make sense. And yeah. then like, I need to deal with whatever this is. I need to deal with like, why is it bringing up so many issues to like be on my feet like this? You know and what? Be, and, yeah. We should, for the Chicago uh, improv thing. We should add Tom to it. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about the possibility of like, because JD said his parents have never seen him perform improv. And I was like, we should go to Chicago and do a show. And we could do like workshops and, and make it like a Chicago trip of like just doing like, and that would be a good like three prov show to do. And then you're going to watch. That would be fun. I feel but your no, family ever that, seen you that, perform? That should be, I feel like that should be a 12 hour day to prov. No, has your family ever seen you perform? They have. They saw me. I think they actually saw one of those Neil Clash shows, I want to say. Clash shows don't count. That's fair. Um, But that that would be a fun trip to Chicago, though, I feel like. That would be a fun trip. That would be like, uh, we could do like workshops and do a show. Um, But I always felt like, in a similar way, like I grew up thinking... I grew up, when I was in high school and I was friends with Jeff Falzone, I always felt that Jeff was a better actor than me. Right. And he didn't do plays. We would improvise films together and we would improvise, like we made a, a fake TV show that we improvised together. And I always felt like, even though I was the one who like, quote unquote, did acting, that I was like, if I was Jeff, I would do acting and I would do better at it. I'd be, I would be better at it and I would have an easier time working. I have a theory that yeah. every person who works as a comedy uh-huh. performer or person has like a friend they grew up with that's like, that person is the funny one. Uh-huh. That person's one that was supposed to be doing this, and I'm the one that's doing it. Because I had like my best friend growing up who I always thought was like more creative and funnier uh-huh. and like better at making movies and stuff than I was, and he just didn't keep doing it. Right, and yeah. I still think he's insanely funny, but it just—I'm the one that chose to throw myself into the machine of it. Right, right. And I think there's so many people. That but are then like, the keep doing it part is is the biggest part. Exactly. Right. Hundred percent. But I always think that's fun. Where it's like growing up, there's always like, oh yeah, I don't think I was of our friends the person that was most suited to have success in this. I just stuck to it the most. Who was the? Per- but then it's an interesting thing with that, where it's like you separate. It's like okay, yes. there's this whatever this, this yes. raw intangible thing. You turn to like an RPG stat, where it's like okay, there's talent, and then there's work. But of yeah. course, what you're but, saying. But is then like, you're like separating yeah. this like the work part. But then it's like, but I don't think they're so separate. And then I agree. it's like it's like this full package where it's like, 
Um, I think I think my point more is that there is always some. It feels I, like there's someone you. that you are jealous of some aspect, not jealous of in a negative yeah. way, but that you look up to their talents in a way right. where you never felt like, oh, I was the best in my thing coming up. Right. At least that's I've I've heard that experience from a lot of people. No, I think that's true. I but know so, it's true for but me. So you were saying Jeff was a. Yeah, I always felt like Jeff didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I thought he was naturally great at it. He was like naturally fun. We met in a drama class and he loved, we were having to do duet pantomimes and he loved mine and I loved his. We became like mutual fans of each other, but he was so dismissive of like, oh, I don't really do it. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to remember, who was it that you did two prov with in parentheses than when we were doing scenes and it was... Uh, uh, you did a scene with I'm blanking on I'm trying to remember Oh the two prof set? Yeah Are you talking about George Agnostakos? Yes I see him all the time now by the yeah. way Yeah he, he lives uh, close by He also has a, a child Almost the exact same age as Henry That's amazing Yeah what, Do you remember what your scene was about? No I think we did like an hour set In that class it Wasn't it? It was so great Well the best I have two no prof, memory of it The de- best two prof set I've ever seen in my life Was in that class And it was George Ignatius and George Karaman. Yeah, and they were a team for a long time. Remember, that was the one that was about... I don't want to reveal too much because it was a very personal set. Yeah. And that was the purpose of it was the confines. But yeah. uh, one of them was trying to compel the other one to make changes in their life. And the other one kept trying to turn it into improv scenes. And so it was the person in the scene, the person that was trying to compel the other person to make changes in their life, kept having to enter the scenes within the bounds of the scene, try to solve problems and push tough to the side for that character right. so that the scene could be over so they could get back to the real stuff. Right. And it was this really interesting, like, meta, two-sided. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the more interesting going back and forth in this meta way. I've never seen I still haven't never seen Do you remember that set, like though? That. I totally remember that. Yes. I remember yeah. a lot of specifics from that so actual I. scene. Yes. It, it really stuck with me. Um, the wedding. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I have the same thing, though. Whenever sometimes this class comes up and I still have this kind of like, I'll start saying something. I'll be like, ooh, I actually. I We're not I supposed should, to talk about that. I don't think that. we should talk about that. Oh, there's definitely things that happen in that class that I would never talk about. Yeah. In a public way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's been talked about publicly. But I wouldn't. Yes. I still wouldn't. Even if, I, even if someone said, here, we publish an oral history of the class and it's You're all right there. About... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that was... I also... Well, I don't want to talk about it, but like... Yeah. I... There, I will... We... Yeah. Yeah, that's, this is. That's I was, a, people listening are, are just hearing. This is like, not a great yeah, podcast. Just, no, no. I was going to say this is the best moment of the whole podcast. Is like as a listener, you're like, wait, what? Oh, oh we'll never know. Um, but there, yeah, it was like there was just yeah. I, I keep starting to say sentences. I'm like, I don't even want to say that. Yeah, I don't even want to say that I, part. Yeah, I. God. Yeah. I, yeah. Well. Yeah. It. The things. It's also interesting So we knew each other from Advanced. That was where we, we met in that class. In, the, in that class. I remember I instantly loved you because we did like a, it was, I think it was like a park bench of truth type thing. Uh-huh. And you were talking about your insecure 
because you thought it looked like you were going bald in a way, but mm-hmm. you were like, I just want to be clear, I'm not insecure that I'll look like I'm bald. I'm insecure that people are going to think I'm trying to cover it up. Yeah. And you said that. I was like, I love that guy. It's true. Uh, the interesting thing is the way that I'm going bald. Also, your beard is getting gray. Yeah. I've had a thing where people, after I do George Lucas talk show, I've had people say to me, you didn't wash it all out. And I'm like, nope. That's me. Uh, I have this gray, like, stripe. And I've got my growing. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like yours, too. I have, like, three times the amount of gray hair I had before Henry was born. Really? Yeah. I I'm will say so we, much more gray. One I, of my favorite memories... Uh, so Tom and I have this weird tradition yeah. that has occurred, which is we'll run into, into each other on the street, and it's this weird magical thing that will happen. It's a time warp situation, Connor, where we will run into each other and start talking, and then we will re- look down. This happened one time. We looked down in, what was it, three hours? Okay, this really can't be emphasized enough. Yes. Because this is truly one of the weirdest moments of my entire life. Truly, it, we were both, it felt like something weird had happened. JD and I were standing across this. I don't know why we crossed the street, but we were across the street from my apartment, standing yeah. there talking. And we were talking for a while. We were definitely talking for a while. We ran each other on the street, and we were sitting there talking. And it was one of these, like, if you had asked how long we had been talking, it would be like, wow, I bet we've, I bet we've been talking for an hour. I bet we've been staying here talking for an hour. And we looked down, and we'd been talking for, like, three and a half hours. Like, and it, three and a half hours. It's like, not an exaggeration. Literally, like, we ran each other at, like, 2.30, and now it was, like, 6 p.m. And we yeah. were like, oh, my God. And it, it, it was, like... It really felt like this matrix, like a break in the system. It just hadn't been that long. Yeah. It just there's no way it was three and a half hours. Yeah. Like maybe it was like an hour twenty, and I and and it really was this insane moment. I feel like we spent like another fifteen minutes just being like, "What's going on?" And how we're like going I, through this separate talking about it. Like, how yeah. could that have taken so long? Yeah, we talked about this. We talked about how <laughs> we, we we talked about Halloween. Yeah, we, uh, we uh, talked about NBA. You saw this documentary about how would you feel? About how would you poverty? F- yeah. How would you feel if you found? I actually remember most of what. Yeah, so do I. And I, that's what I'm saying. I remember the NBA conversation we had too. How would you I feel? I watched that documentary by right. the way. Oh, uh, um, what's I forgot her name? She did the Queen of Versailles. Yes. And then it was about. Um, um, uh, why can't I think of the? Oh my God! I'll look it up. How would you feel if I found like surveillance footage that showed that you had that conversation and you were both talking really slowly? <laughs> Lauren Greenfield. Yeah. And the doc is. You're just like so for generation wealth. Halloween. <laughs> or or what if it was you you see footage and it's like we have like a 15 minute conversation and then we both just stand still face staring at each other like. Turned off for yeah. like two and a half hours. They're like, "Yeah, hey, how long has it been?" Oh, how did we so disappear? Crazy. Maybe we got abducted by aliens. I've never had, and it just—I feel like it doesn't translate because you just say it. It's like, "Oh wow, they you must have missed." It, yeah. It, yeah, they it, they were talking but the longer fact that than you they both, thought. But it, the it, fact it, that you both felt it—that's yes. what it was. You had to be there. It was just like we just hadn't been talking that long. It just wasn't three and a half hours. It, yeah, it, it wasn't because three and a half hours isn't an amount of time that you don't notice that you're just standing on the sidewalk talking to a friend. No, that's yeah. and, and it was like, and, a, like and after forty-five minutes, you're like. 
Do you want to sit down, like get coffee, or maybe we like totally. hang out sometime? I'll you want to get some we just, food? Do you need to go to the bathroom? We were, like, literally were just standing yeah. in the street corner for three and a half hours. And it was also, like, oh Molly, I'm gonna run outside. I'm gonna yeah. hand baby. It's just like I came back in. She's like, where were you? <laughs> I thought you guys like went to get dinner or something. We stood outside for three and a half hours. Truly. I, well, also I feel like as a someone who wasn't part of this experience, I, apology for inserting myself into your story, <laughs> uh, but the. Yeah. Connor, no. you're such a great improviser. Oh, thank you. But, but here's the thing. If it was an improv scene... Uh, no. Uh, but I feel like as someone... The fact that we've done all of these... Yes. Uh, like, if, I, if, I, if I'd never done 12-Hour Day with you, uh, I maybe wouldn't have, like, as direct experience of, a, of that thing of where you're really conscious of how many hours are going by just in a conversation... Yeah. But there's never been a point in even one of these episodes, there's times when I've forgotten that we're recording a podcast, there's times that we, you know, there's all the different ways that our minds have changed over the course of 13-hour recording sessions. There's never been a time when three and a half hours went by and we thought it was an hour. Yes, 100%. We've never in 17 episodes had that experience. And I feel like if that was a thing that could happen... Yes. We or that was ha- would happen casually or easily. Yeah, if that was an yeah, then we would have experienced something like that. If that was a thing that just like, well, you get to talking, yeah, and you lose track of time. It's not a thing that's happened. That's a very very uh, hard to explain thing. Here's the other side of things that makes it interesting, though. Yeah, it's sort of like, um, uh, like the, the there was all these legends of Bo Jackson of mm-hmm. things that he did when he was a kid. Yeah, like where he like jumped across this like thirty foot river or something that people were like they like. In like all the lights, like the measure, and they're like, yeah, this was like thirty feet, and Bo jumped across the whole thing, or like, there's all these weird stories, and if you said that about a normal person, you'd be like, yeah, that didn't happen, but it cuts Bo Jackson, you're like, but maybe it did, and I feel like you're right, but also knowing both Tom and I, you're like, there are people who could talk for three hours, and not be weirded out by that, you know what I mean, like. It is within our capability, which makes it even more strange. Because then you're like, I think that did happen then. Yeah, Yeah, but also... Like, it's not like, oh, a a toddler flipped a car over. It's like, oh, it happened to be a strong man that flipped the car. Like, it's it's in the realm of possibility. Yeah, but it's the two things, though. It's the capability of doing it. Right. But neither of you are unobservant people. No. You're both actually highly sensitive to environment and circumstance like you don't get lost in that way and and molly confirms it like molly confirms you were out for it's not a thing where it's like you got the time wrong and you thought it was three and a half hours but it was some or it was like daylight savings time day or something. yeah there's nothing like that because molly confirms like where were you all that time right right so you've got outside verification that it happened in fact let me go back and look at our test messages. Because I guarantee you we texted and we're like, that was weird. Oh, we did. We did text. We did text, I remember. I don't um, remember. And... And we don't have that... Uh, yeah, I don't feel like it's that long of a... No. Because we're not big texters. No. Yeah, I feel like a JD... is <laughs> your dentist, Rec? A JD... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, uh, you, you should go to this dentist if you want to. Dr. Carrasco is the best dentist in the world. If you live in Astoria, even if you don't, she's worth traveling to. 3096 35th Street in Astoria. <laughs> Truly, probably the best doctor I've ever been to. Um, 
Oh, there's a picture of Henry when he looks not at all like he looks now. Um, I don't know why I'm also trying to find this when you're clearly going to get there first. But... I don't think I am. Um, um, oh, but Tom and I kept... Oh, wait. I just found it. Fuck. And you went away from it? Yeah. Right. Because Tom and I were... McClunky. McClunky. Uh... Because I just, we, we shared the, because Tom and I kept comparing it to the snowman. Mm-hmm. You know that, uh, the animation that won best picture or best animated short? They're like, da 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 where it starts and ends with the, like, guy being like, I remember one day when I met the snowman. And then at the end, he's, like, walking away in the sunset. Oh. Uh, it's so sad beautiful oh man I'm not gonna be right out oh man I have no idea I'm not gonna be able to find it so you um, just found it what's that you found it and you lost it I thought I did but it was us texting about remembering that time oh okay um, here we go I got it yeah wait do I yeah, what see, I think it? I did the same thing. This is cute. Us going through our texts with each other. Yeah, and also Tom having the same moment as you a little bit after you. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're right. This is after the fact. It must have been. Oh, it was four hours. Four hours. So. Four hours. I So I don't know what when this is happening in relation to the conversation. I wrote, this feels like a good place to transcend time again. Yeah. And then you wrote, yeah, right, that was still insane. I feel like we'll look back on that conversation with the same nostalgic tone as the beginning of The Snowman. Right. And then you posted that. And then you wrote, and it was on that day. We talked for four hours. (laughs) Wild. And then I wrote, we spoke of television, Halloween in the suburbs, and Michael Beasley. While time carried on elsewhere, we resided in pure stillness. Really beautiful stuff. Uh, Tom and I had an experience together because we haven't seen each other as much this year. That's true. I feel bad that I still haven't met Henry. That's okay. Oh, wait. What? I had... That all came from a... I was going to tell a story of one of my favorite times. It was about Tom's gray hair. Was oh, that... Yeah. I want to say it was three or four weeks after you had had Henry. Oh, yeah. And I came to your door, I think, to give you my spare key. Yeah. And I remember Tom texted me and was like, Hey, uh, like you could you could feel this vibe in the text of just like, hey, um, just uh, uh well, when you come, just just text and I'll meet you outside, okay? I just, I just I can't wait, Henry. And I was like, uh, okay. And so I text him, and Tom comes out the door, and it's you know that episode of Seinfeld when there's that <laughs> sign outside Kramer's window that's like shining light in his window. The rotisserie chicken episode. Yes. Yeah. And he's like crazy. Yeah. Tom stepped out of his apartment, truly like with this physicality, just like. Like, and his hair, his hair was like standing straight up and he had like big bags under his eyes and he was just like, Hey, yeah. And I'm like, how you doing? He's like, they say that like, you don't sleep when you have a kid, but like, you don't actually sleep. Like, you're being serious. Like, that's really a thing. 
Yeah. And I was like, you're all right? And he's like, no, no, no. And then he like, took the key and just like went inside. And I was, I remember telling Which I think that is actually the Seinfeld thing. He's like, I'm on no sleep, Jerry. No sleep. And I literally remember telling multiple people like, I think Tom's like losing his shit right now. When Dude, I, that first few weeks is insane. When I look at your hair from this angle. Yeah. And it was like. Ten times grayer than I'd ever seen it in those, like, two weeks. It yeah. looks less gray. I don't know if it's this light. It looks less gray than I thought it did a couple of years ago. Interesting. Because there was I a... I think it's a great gray. It looks a little accent. Yeah, it's a really cool gray you have. Um, and... It's interesting to me... You, and you think it's gotten more over the past year? It's definitely gotten more. Yeah. At least in the last like from this couple an, years. from this angle when you turn profile to me, yeah. it just looks like jet black with one little gray bit there and one little gray bit there. I don't know. Yeah, it's just some highlights. It doesn't really check out that it would be getting less gray, but yeah, I guess I, don't know. If, I guess if we're transcending time, maybe it's possible. Yeah, none of your stories make sense if, right. if you. In, in but terms then. Tom and I now run into each other, and we'll end up just talking for more time than we anticipate. Yeah. We're good catch-uppers. I run into you maybe more than anybody. Yeah. I run into you, I mean, it's not like all the time, but... Here's my theory, though. Yeah. Is that when you first moved to Astoria, I was one of the first people to give you recommendations of all the spots to check out. So I think I have imprinted onto you my same pattern. A map. That's true. Because the other night... I was on the with Molly, and I went to get food at, um, what's it called? Uh, Burger Club. Burger Club. She told me about and this. And she was like, I'm going to Astoria Pizza. And she's like, and I was like, yes, best pizza in Astoria. And I was like, I think I remember telling Tom this. Like, listen, people are going to tell you that this place doesn't look legit, but the pizza is actually pretty good pizza. It's actually probably like the best pizza in Astoria, even though. If you told me that, I completely wiped it from my memory because this was like a discovery we made. Really? Like, well, because maybe it was a discovery you made, but it was just so funny because Molly was like, Tom is crazy about this place. And I'm like, I'm like, Molly, if I walk in there right now, she will say two pepperoni <laughs> the moment I walk in because I order two pe- sides of pepperoni every time. She'll go, two pepperoni, how are you? If there's a line and people are waiting to order and I walk in, so go two pepperoni and have it ready for me because I'm obsessed with that place. It is hands down the best pizza in Astoria. Yes. Unbelievable. It's good pizza. And it's a place that looks – it does not look legit. It breaks every rule I have about yes. like – Like what? Okay. So the first thing – this isn't a rule I have, but just like <laughs> from an optic standpoint. So it's like half pizza place, half convenience store. It used to be two separate places and they broke down the wall. At yeah. some point, like, five years ago. Yeah. So just walking in, it just doesn't feel like this is going to have, like, particularly great pizza. It right. feels like those places that, like, happen to find, like, a discount pizza oven and it's like, maybe we can make money selling pizza, too. But that's not the case. Right. And then the other thing, and this is, like, uh, a rule, which is, like, typically I find places that are really good in New York, they, like, do one thing. And so it's a little bit of a red flag when there's a big menu and they're doing a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And this place is one of those places. They have they have sandwiches, pasta, they have burgers, this, they have pastas, yeah. yeah, they have desserts, they have soup, they it's have all this fun. stuff. Everything about it's just like, no. And then you have it, and it is inexplicably good. I, I think it's hands down the best pizza in Astoria. Yeah, because Astoria doesn't have good pizza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is delicious. Molly and I get it like once a week. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of my – and it's open – 
has to be until like 5 a.m. or something. Yeah. I've never had it been closed. The place I go to in Woodside changed ownership over the past couple of years. Was a family for a long time. Right. And then they sold it. And there's continuity of like one guy. Right. Who still works there, who worked there before, but I think the family that owned it before left. And I used to go in, and when I would go in, I would get two plain slices. And there was a point where they, the special is that you get two plain slices and a soda. Right. But it's just like a fountain soda from the thing. I'm like, I don't need the soda. Yeah. But it's, it's included in the deal. Right. So the family before knew that I didn't want a soda with it. And so they got to the point where they would no longer offer because it was always a no. Yeah. And, the, and then the, they, they switched to owners. And there's a new guy who uh, always offers me a soda. Never remembers that it's not. He always remembers. He goes, ah, the usual. And he got it into his head that I like two plain slices, not heated up. Right. And I had to tell him, like, I never said that. Like, I get him heated. And then he'll correct the other guy. Like, at one point, the other guy was going to heat the thing. He's like, no, no, he doesn't like him heated. I was like, no, actually, I do. He's like, what? Like, I actually, I do. And I've had to tell him before, like, not heated, yeah. right? I'm like, no, no, I heat them. That's fine. <laughs> you've, got a, a, you've got a usual locked in that's not your correct order. Yeah, it's not. So he remembers that it's a usual, but he's got it wrong to the point where the guy who does know it, when he'll go to do it, he'll be like, no, no, don't heat them. Don't heat them. I'm like, no, no, I want to heat it. You want them heated. You never get them heated. I'm like, no, I, I want them heated. And I don't know if he has me mixed up with some other person right. who really doesn't want them heated that makes a bigger deal out of it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Some guy that looks like you that's like, yeah. if you hit it, I'm not getting it. And. Yeah, there must be some confusion that's led to this guy because this guy is convinced that I don't want it heated. And I always have to be, make extra effort to make sure this guy heats it. So here's a funny thing that happened to me. There's a place that I've been going to for now eight years, Pita Hot, which is one of my favorite. Pita Hot's great. Favorite places. It's very close to me. It's I farther one, from you. I have one I like a little better, but no, no shade to Pita yes, Hot. Yes, but Pita Hot's more convenient for me because it's like very close. Yeah, it's right there. And I have this rapport with the – I've known them for years. And I will go in, and I always get the chicken shawarma platter, which is like rice, vegetables, chicken. And um, they – it's like Israeli, Turkish – it's a small place, family run. And sometimes they will cook – like bake this chicken, and they'll make like a couple chicken breasts, and they'll always like save one for me. And, or like what if I walk by, I'd be like, hey, we're going to have chicken tonight because it's like a very small place. Anyways, but I always get that special. Where I walk, uh, not special, but the chicken platter. And I walk in, and my order is always no uh, uh, chicken platter to go, no hot sauce, no onions. Because they cook a ton of onions in their stuff sometimes. And it's not that I don't like onions or don't eat onions. It's just for what they're doing, it's, it's sometimes too much. Mm-hmm. It's more onion sometimes than the other stuff that you want. Yeah. And so I'm just like, no onions. Because I just want to keep it simple. So that was always my order. I come in, and then... I'll always be like, same thing, no onions, and make a big joke out of it. And then, like, it's like the Queen's Astoria joke is that there's, like, a couple jokes that shopkeepers will make in Queens. One of the jokes is uh, they'll charge you $1,000 or whatever. Like, if you're a regular, they'll be like, $1,000. Okay, okay, $1 million. And I'll, then, you know, you do the, the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the non-joke back. Right? Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh, All right, well, I wish. Pay you later. Okay. I'll pay you later. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you have more money. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um and then the other joke is to like 
purposely get the order wrong. And so uh, this guy, sometimes I'd come in and he'd go, he'll go, uh, extra onions? And I'll laugh and go, ha, 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 yeah. I'll go, I'll go yeah, 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 you know me. Yeah, I bought extra onions, no onion, you know, that kind of thing. And so whenever I come in, he'll go, extra onions. So one time there was a new guy working there who was like the like guy working – because this guy owns the place, yeah, and he wanted to work a little less, so he started bringing in people to like be the cooks, so he could at night go home with his family. And so I come in, and the moment I walk in, he goes, "The regular, you know, chicken platter." And then he's like, uh, <laughs> "Extra onions, he extra goes, hot sauce." <laughs> he goes, "He goes, extra onions, extra hot sauce," as a joke. Yeah. And I'm in my head like, he's gonna tell the guy. He's got to tell the guy that that's a. A, a bit because I can see the guy sort of being like what and then he's like he's like all the onions you can fit all the onions you can. like as a joke and then so I'm <laughs> sitting there and I'm like I'm not going to step in here because it's like I have to trust that this guy knows yeah because you don't want to be the asshole who's like actually uh, yes. yeah uh, I guess we have this rapport and so then <laughs> the thing comes up and it's I hate like, this. I hate this so it's much. Like, it's like even if I liked onions, it would be so many onions to the point that it was like visually disgusting. Like onions smushed up against the underside of the plant. <laughs> oh. like, so much. And like 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 because I don't mind onions. And if they sometimes they'll mess it up accidentally and someone will put in onions. I don't really care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this was so much and hot sauce. And then the owner saw it and he goes, Oh and he starts speaking it. <laughs> In like whatever Hebrew, whatever whatever language that they're speaking is, I don't know what language it is. I don't want to judge her. Yeah, I have no idea. A different language. You don't know A what it is. Different language. You don't speak it. Whatever it is, you don't speak it. Exactly. And I see the guy, the guy that made it, like go like, uh, like being like you said. I said like the equivalent of you said. And he's like, oh, and he sort of looks at me, and I'm like, don't worry about it. I was like, that's why you can't make the joke. And he's like. I know. I'm so sorry. Mm. He's like, it's on the house. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. I like paid for it and I took it home and just like, you know, sh- tried to get them off or whatever. Got, but got it was some of the onions. But so now the guy that works that was the one that did that that night, he's now the guy that's mostly the regular there, and that owner will be there, but he won't be cooking whatever. So when I see him, we always have a, a big laugh of like, he's like, no one, like no <laughs> onions, like he makes yeah. a big deal out of it because he's like still embarrassed. Yeah. Um, Ugh. That was a long way to tell a story. That was, so, but I thought it was. Uh, it's one of those things of like, you become a regular somewhere and you get the thing locked in. But if there's something off about that process, yeah, it can spin out of control. And you don't, and you don't want to be, like, in that moment, it doesn't feel right. Like even going back to it, it still wouldn't feel right in that moment for you to be like, actually, I don't like onions. He's making a joke. Yes. Because it doesn't feel it like it makes it's, me seem like a psycho. It doesn't yeah. feel like it feels like it would be like that moment today when <laughs> we were in we were in oh. FBO Schwartz and I'm oh. wearing this Simpsons shirt and this employee comes up to me and says like Simpsons I thought it was a Simpsons shirt she starts talking about um, how <laughs> she starts talking about how they sell uh, like a Duff uh, like a Flaming Mose drink downstairs and also the Duff drink or Duff beer drink. Yeah. And she's talking about it, and I, because we're recording the podcast, I'm like, oh, right, because I'm wearing a, a Simpsons shirt. That says. No, Connor's just going, she's talking. Connor goes, I'm wearing a Simpsons shirt that is Bart on Christmas. 
<laughs> and says, peace on earth, man. Yes. Uh, yes. And, so and I'm she's saying, like, and I didn't like realize maybe until, I didn't re- was like my cousin on the spectrum or right. something. I didn't, I didn't realize because I was just focusing on like the audience needs to understand right. what she's referencing. You were, and you, were you were focusing on the audience in and front our mics of you. are off, yeah. so she doesn't know we're recording anything. We're just customers in there, and I'm just like, yeah, you have a Simpsons shirt. Like, I have a Simpsons shirt that has Bart Simpson on. And then we were talking about this like 30 seconds later, or whatever. Yeah, and she walks by. Whereas JD goes, I'm looking at dinosaurs now. <laughs> Like JD's explaining to me, we like go around the corner. He's like, "You seem a little off because she said all these things, and you narrated what she could clearly see for the listener." And then JD turns and goes, "I'm looking at dinosaurs now." She's like, "I think we both seem a little off." Um, Oh my god! So toy store being like, "I'm wearing pants and a shirt. I'm looking at dinosaurs now." She's like, okay, well, All yeah, right. have a good time. They love, they love FAO shorts. Yeah. It's good. And we're two, like, grown adults with no kids walking around, like, weird sections of FAO shorts, naming what we're doing, uh, describing our clothes out loud. That story about the place with the onions that you go to, can you imagine if I went there? Uh, How that would change the story. Oh, you hate onions, right? Well, they would... Actually, like, because if you were like rice, chicken, nothing else, yeah, they'd be like, okay, they would like do it for you. They're like, because it is a family-owned place. Yeah, the places that are weird about that are the places that are like chains or things like that, where there's like a yeah. whatever. Truly, this is a place where I'll come in and I'll be like, is that the baked chicken? And they'll be like, yeah, and they'll like, you know, be like, do you want sauce or this? And like, it's such a casual place that if you walked in and were like, hey, could you cook me this tonight? They'd be like, yeah, come back in an hour. So I think it wouldn't be as traumatic as if you walk into like if you walk into like a McDonald's and we're like, "Can I just have the bread and hamburger?" They'd be like, "What number?" Yeah, and you'd be like, "No, no, no! I just want." I I have occasionally uh, gone into Wendy's in New York in Manhattan, right? And they now have these touch screens. Oh yeah, where you can customize your order, right? So you literally, like, it says, like, what do you want on your burger? And you have these pluses or minuses. You can either add extra or you can get it down to none. Right. And they're not very responsive touchscreens. So it's frustrating. So sometimes you'll just be standing there and you'll be like, minus, 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 minus. It's just not acknowledging you. Yeah. And there's one thing where it's like, you want to go to the next screen to talk about cheese or veggies. You'll press it and it won't respond. And you'll wait and you'll press it a different way. <laughs> I like that. It's wait. A, a conversation thing. So. It's like, press this button if you want to talk about cheese or veggies. And it's like an AI bot that's like, what do you think about cheese and veggies? Uh, it's, there are these tabs at the top, basically, yeah. to move to the next screen. Right. So I'll press, uh, I, want, uh, I want this. I want to go to the next screen for veggies. Press it, no response. Press it again. Try pressing it in a different way. Try pressing and holding, et cetera. You'll press. And then at a certain point, it'll be like, every press that you did is suddenly like, here they are. Swipe. Swipe. Next. Next. And it's just like yeah. moving through all the screens because every press that you did. It's just cheese. Half a hamburger. Seven pickles. Like, but no, it's just like, no, it's just like swiping to the next full right. screen. But, it, but you pressed it 20 times a minute ago. Right. And now it's just like, oh, you wanted to go 20 times to the right? Screen, 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 screen. Back to the beginning. Back through, yeah. through, through. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and 
but your order goes through and it is like, there's no mistaking it. Like, you know, you're sending an order that's like, I want none of this. I want right. none of this. Like it, it's, whereas when you go up and you speak to someone and you say like, I want a plain hamburger with nothing on it. Very often that person would be like, Oh, I guess he doesn't want ketchup. That's what I mean by nothing on it. Right. No ketchup. I hate ketchup. And they'll like put the order in yeah. and be like, Oh, plain. And the, there was one time that I went in there and I knew that I had done an accurate order. Uh, and it's basically just like, uh, just bun and meat and that's it. And they were taking a long time processing it. And I guess they thought that I didn't want, that I just wanted the meat. Right. And they were like, they didn't know how to serve it. And so they were just going, walking around back and forth, and they, like, found a container that was, like, a like a cheap sort of, like, yeah. Tupperware-type thing. And then they just gave me a thing, and it was just, like, a meat patty in a plastic container. And I oh. went back up, and I'm like, oh, no, I wanted, like, a hamburger with the thing. And they're like, oh, okay. But they just assumed, like, he doesn't want anything, so we'll just right. give him a meat patty. Someone I think I saw online when those first came out, there was a way to, like, add and remove stuff in a certain order where you could basically – get all of the elements separately, not put together, like, for free. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Look it up. But yeah. it was something where it's like, because of all of the different options and things, you could be like, great, if I say that I want <laughs> I... a vegan this with extra buns and no buns on this screen, like, it'll be like, buns but no buns, but the free buns, but not the this. And then there'll be, like, a loose morass of things yeah. that you could form into a Big Mac. You can just put it together yourself. Um... Is this one of those things they like got? They have all these screens now, so they don't have, to have employees. No, because they still need employees, and they still have a line where you go up to someone. It's I think it's yeah. meant to be that you can get through a line quicker because the orders are going through. Oh, here's here's what it was. Oh, this is very funny. Um, if you order a hamburger minus the beef patty, the total comes out to negative ten cents. <laughs> and so if you get negative ten. If, so if you order, they owe you money. If you order ten of these meatless burgers, <laughs> they owe you a dollar. They owe you a dollar, and then you buy a regular burger, so you get ten empty buns <laughs> and a burger for free. <laughs> Here, this is him doing it. It's like the beginning of like. And they did it. Yeah. Oh, because it's a dollar burger. That's so great. So funny. I love that. Um, um, I, 
I'm not a fan of this person, but I, growing up, because he was on the radio, I would always listen to him on Love Line. Was Adam Kroll and Dr. Drew? Yeah, and he always had a thing that I still today think is pretty funny and true, which was he'd always say, "No mayo means extra mayo." Was like a thing where it's like basically like if you if you order are talking to a waiter or anyone and you make any sort of change to what you're ordering that is not just a standard thing, you are flipping a coin that'll either be what you wanted or the exact opposite. Yeah. So like if you're like, no mayonnaise, there's a good chance they're going to just put extra mayonnaise on because they're going to be like, I don't know, it's something about mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, and I found that to be true. It's like there's so many times... For instance, I go to um, the grocery store that both you and I frequent, Tom, and I'll order uh, like turkey lunch meat to make like turkey sandwiches for myself. Yeah. And turkey, if everyone knows, when sometimes when you cut it, if you cut it too thin, it just turns like shredded. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't like that. So I always tell them, I'll be like, uh, turkey, but um, can you not cut it thin? And can instead, can you cut it thick so it doesn't shred? And I have to say the full sentence because I used to say, can you cut it thick? And they'd be like, they just hear the thick and be so used to people asking for a thin cut yeah. that they just don't think about it. But still, if I'm like, can you cut it thick so that it doesn't shred? They'll be like, yeah, sure. Shred it? And then they'll just shred it. Yeah. And so now I just don't say anything, and I just hope that the machine is set to a, you gotta find a the, wide mark. you got to find the number on the machine. That would be the best way. It'd be like, right. set to five. Right. Like, but a, you know like that, a haircut. But I, that happens all the time. Like, or, or if you... It's like um, malicious compliance where, mm-hmm. like, if you're like, oh, can I get extra guacamole? And they'll, like, smother the thing that you're in. And it's like, I just really meant, like, a little bit extra. Yeah. But it's hard to be like, hey, sometimes you do it a little bit and sometimes you do it a lot. And can you just do it the normal amount but, like, on the a lot side of the spectrum? Because if you're like, oh, extra this, then they'll just, like, ruin mm-hmm. your food with whatever. The, they'll, they'll put yeah. so many onions that it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i trying to think because with my orders of things... And let me just say, this is all people trying their best at jobs that are... Too late. Too late. Okay. J.D., you did the damage. Okay. And you I cited Adam Carolla, too. I'm, you yeah. I'm in real You only water. care about your turkey nut. J.D. Amato just triggered some people. Oh my. Now, Connor, you have to apologize <laughs> for this because you... Yeah, no, I'm not a shock jock like you, J.D. I don't know how to shock people. I'm just trying my best. I get it. JD, you could also get the uh, the Applegate packaged turkey. What am I, a psycho? I know. What's wrong with that? You could slice it yourself with a knife. I feel like the pre-packaged, it feels like there's no way it can be. Not that any of it is fresh, but. There's no way it can be fresh if yeah. it's pre-packaged? That's what it feels like. Do it's you like get one that? Of those, it's one of those sealed pouches. Oh, yeah, it's good. I mean, once so it's like once you open it, then you have to eat it within, you know. Yeah, get a resealable yeah. type. But. Yeah, but it's it's good turkey. Yeah, and then very consistent, and it, it's not it's not super thin, so it might be might be up your alley. Look into it. I used to always uh, yeah. when my when my mom and my sister when my mom went vegetarian, I used to always say to her because she would like ask questions. She'd be like that uh, the vegetarian uh, or like the vegetable soup is that from a a chick that's not from a chicken stock or a beef stock is it she would and i was like you have to say the phrase i am a vegetarian you have to say it because otherwise weirdly people will 
hear the question, and most of them will say, oh, this means you don't want it to be that. Right. But some of them will genuinely just be like, oh, a curious person. Right. And then they'll find, and the, particularly like in Missouri, they'll take it as like, oh, she had a, that, that woman had a question. She's curious about the nature of our food. And then they'll find out like, oh, it is beef stock. What's well, a bonus for her? She was worried it wouldn't be. Right. You know what I mean? Like the or assumption like, will be. It'll be the Pink Panther joke. Of what's the, that? When he goes up to the guy and he's like, he's like, uh, does your dog bite? And the guy's like, no, my dog does not bite. And he goes to pet the dog and the dog bites him. And the guy's like, I thought you said your dog did not bite. And he goes, that's not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yeah, that thing where it, like. The other thing is like you might be you might be like oh is that chicken stock and they're like no it's not chicken stock it's you know whatever beef uh, stock or yeah it's something that's or like... or they might go go no 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 it's um uh, tofu stock or something mm-hmm. like okay and then like you get the soup and there's like sausage in it yeah like oh I you were just asking about the stock I thought and it's yeah like, and I'm like you need to say I'm a vegetarian because otherwise they're not necessarily going to fill in the blanks because. You know, they're dealing with multiple tables. It's like a... Is it you that does the allergy trick? I have done that where I say... Uh, I don't say I'm allergic. I've never lied. I say I have a bad reaction to it. Yes. Which this, is true. This came up in a, in a fragile. Yeah. Where I... Onions. Onions. Where I'll say, that doesn't have onions in it because I have a bad reaction to onions. And your bad reaction is, yuck, I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, well, my bad reaction is, I don't want to eat the food that you gave me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, what you need to send up is an alert that this is either a medical issue or a legal issue. Because if it's just an educational issue, if it's just like trivia, right. then it, it feels casual. It's like, right. hey, how old is this building? Does this, you know, like, when was this built? Oh, curious. And hey, if, if I'm, I'm like, I think in the 1950s, but if you're like... If I go into a building that was built before 1945, I will die. Yeah, I'll be then like, they're wait, like, hold up. Let me look. Let me look. Yeah, so like I say I have a bad reaction, and I would always tell my mom, like, you need to say this because otherwise they might just think it's a casual question that doesn't mean anything to you. Not like, I can't eat it if it's chicken stock. Because I have seen it where my mom has asked a question, and then they bring out the food, and it's like, oh, by the way, good news, it is chicken stock. Right. And they don't realize because you – and like – it's not it's not their job to know your life. Yeah. And it's easy enough to make like the assumption that's like, oh, I didn't know why you were asking that. Like you have to like just be clear that it's like I won't want this food if it's yes. like that. Uh, the thing I often have and I have to say about it, oh, it's not it's it's I say it with pickles. Oh yeah. Because I say it that sandwich places, you can say like I would like a plain uh, chicken sandwich, just chicken and bread and no toppings and no garnish on the we side. We last night. Yeah. And places will add a pickle and they'll be like, you're welcome. <laughs> and the pickle juice will have already soaked into the bread and they really will not have understood that it's like, right. I thought you just didn't like all of the other things. And in they, and they genuinely think like, well, everyone loves pickles, <laughs> and, or, the, or they think he doesn't have to eat it if he doesn't want to. Yeah, uh, you can just uh, squeeze the bread and uh, strain <laughs> the pickle juice out of it. Um, Tom and I had an experience. Uh, when? How long ago was it now? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> really? Well, I'm not sure which. Yeah, I'm not sure which experience you're. T- are you talking about Connor's Pizza? 
yeah, that yeah. was that was. Uh, How long ago was that? That was two months. Uh, yeah, almost two months. Almost two months. Sept- we filmed that September twenty third. Oh yes, yeah. Tom told me about this. What did Tom tell you? Let's hear your version. Well, I don't know what you want to share or not share. I don't know. I don't know. What I shared with you. I think I what did I say. You shared with me the length of the a, experience. Is this a secret? That's why we put it so deep you were, in the podcast. Uh, you I shared figure it wasn't because you were like live Instagramming all night about it. Yeah, I don't think it's a secret. Okay. Well, it's not my project to talk about, but I heard about the length of the experience. Yes. And the intimacy of the experience. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I think it's fun. Because I think uh, it's unlike any experience you and I have had before. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like closer. I feel like it's worth talking about in this because it feels closer to... Uh, a JD experience than a Connor or a Tom experience in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Like the nature of it, the intensity was, of it. I was about to just say something insane that I'm just, I'm gonna self I'm gonna call myself out for thinking this. Yeah, I was about to make the comment of that. I was like, I was like, there's projects that you guys do together that I'm like jealous of. Of like, oh, I wish I could do these projects where we like spend this time together making this stuff. And then I stopped myself because I was like, I'm literally saying that on a 12 hour podcast that. Yeah, that is we just did. that is just hit the end of our uh, thirteen. And then I also we just talked about how Tom and I spend four hours on the sidewalk talking. <laughs> talking. Like, oh, I think I think we all spend time yeah. with each other. Yeah, there's no jealousy I have to feel. Yeah, just right. because you guys are doing a thing. It is a funny that is just true. I think with just creativity though, just yeah. like any other thing, it's like oh that looks good. That looks fun. That looks fun. That looks fun. I'd like to do something like that. I like those people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom and I made a movie. That uh, we filmed it. My sister moved apartments, and so her new apartment uh, they had already moved. So she her old old apartment, which was very very nice, uh, was completely empty. And so uh, Tom and I asked, "Can we film in your old apartment when you're gone? And we just Love need it. a day and a night, basically, from twenty four hours in your apartment." And so. The idea was to make a movie about me eating a pizza. And the goal is for it to be a feature film. Uh, really? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know this aspect of it. Uh, I heard how long it took you to shoot it. We have seven plus hours of footage in, in total, like seven and change. I still don't know exactly. It's something like that. Something like that. And the hope is... maybe It might be even a little more. We we got a lot. The hope is that in that seven plus hours of footage, that there's seventy five minutes that we can use. That at That's the end true. of it, and the and it'll be divided by sli- it'll be divided by slice. Like the the movie will be in segments and chapters, yeah. and uh, but it it'll be as many chapters as we need. It won't it won't have to reflect the actual number of slices on a large pizza. Yeah, there will be far more. Chapters than there are slices in the yeah. pizza, and we went into it with a certain amount of ideas in mind for like, well, we could do a slice that's like this, we could do a slice that's like that, we could do whatever, and we also went and determined that it would just be the two of us. There would be no other crew because we knew that like, it would have been terrible. It would have been so bad. It would have been terrible if there had been another person. Yeah, unless it was you, JD, that would have been different. But like, if there was like, right. we had gotten a sound guy or something. Someone- well, that that was my initial like. I was trying to pare it down. Like to the most insane degrees, and yeah. just like can't get around a sound person, just can't get around it. Right. And then you convinced me that we should try to find a way around it. It was like, 
Okay, and, well, maybe if we do this... And okay. part of that was by saying that, for the <laughs> most part, there would be limited uh, need for the actual sound. Yeah. That it would... It, anything... And then, of course, though, we ended up doing a lot more sound than what had initially been. But it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be okay. Do you have your own lobs and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it became... Well, the issue is obviously, one, I'm not a sound person, but yeah. then... I'm the, I'm the only one there, so it's like it just gets pretty cumbersome. Where it's like I'm like, or I'm setting up my zoom, setting up the lab, and setting up the boom. Oh, you do with a zoom? Well, f- yeah. Well, so I had a I had um. What's your camera? So I have a GH5. Got it. So I had a Rode VideoMic Pro on that the whole time. Because that's only eighth inch in. Exactly. What's right? that mean? So I have that on there the whole time. But Oof. then, but then for anything yeah. where it's like talking, but there's very I I, I, I set up a zoom. Oh. Attach it to a mic stand, have a lob. Yeah, it, it, it just gets pretty, it gets pretty cumbersome. That's, What's the eighth inch in mean? Um, so XLR is this cable. Right. Eighth inch is uh, like similar to what you'd have for like a headphone jack. And what's bad eighth about that? actually right there. What's bad about that? Um, so eighth inch in means that if you have a lob, um, for the most part, unless you have a special adapter, you can't go, and there's a lot of context to this. Usually when a camera, some cameras have XLR inputs into their camera. When they have XLR inputs, that means the camera's meant to take an audio, which means usually it has pretty good audio processing, which means it has pretty good level control and level monitoring with the camera and controls that are pretty there for you. If a camera only has an eighth inch in, that usually means the camera's not designed to be processing audio and only does it really as a, way to pick up ambient noise or a boom that's attached to a camera. And it also means that it's not going to do any nice processing or care on your audio, right. nor is it going to have an easy way to adjust the levels. Gotcha. So what that means is that if that camera has an eighth inch in, that means that Tom couldn't record only the audio into the camera. Like, like yeah. I like using cameras a lot that have audio in so that it can just be a one-stop shop. I can do everything right there, monitor, yeah. do levels. On those cameras, sometimes you can send a single mic to two channels and have them like one loud and one soft, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That means that Tom had to have a separate recorder that he was starting to record, then he'd record his camera, then he would slate, and then have the scene happen. And that means in post, he's going to have to go through and match up all those audio files to the video files or automatically do that if the file labeling or the audio matches. But sometimes that process is laborious, imperfect. So it just means Tom had to climb a mountain to get a molehill to do this. No, in a way that is that's how you make movies, but right, it's impressive. the The camera, I really like. Uh, I really like how it looks. But yeah, the, GH5 the, has a really nice soft look to it. That I really and it love. does ten bit. It, yeah. it, like it, it's got all the things you want, but the audio is the the shortcoming of it. Very but, creamy look to it. Yeah. So we went in with a lot of ideas. And then a lot of like, well, we'll see what happens. We'll try other things and see what happens. And so we started in the morning. You're, is it still working? I think so. Yeah, it is. It's and just, we yeah. bought, how many pizzas did we, did we buy? Uh, five pizzas? Five? Five, five pizzas. pizzas? Five pizzas. Yeah. I think so. Five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the, in the building in Jersey City. Yes. Which is, I think, the same building that Steve Tice used to live in. Oh really? Yeah. And I didn't know that. Yeah. And we and the interesting thing is 
because uh, we were also like taking care to like not be loud because uh, we didn't we wanted to have a, a we didn't want to be anyone to know what we were filming yeah. sort of and uh, we didn't want to be an obstructive presence but we reached a point what time did we reach a point where we started breaking down a little bit well that was one of the interesting things about yeah. It for me because uh, typically in my life I'm a huge night owl and it is like right. like pulling an all nighter is not a big deal for me. Yeah. But since having Henry, all of a sudden now I'm like going to bed at like 9 p.m. routinely. Yeah. Right. So for me, around I was starting to feel it around 11 ish, and then once. I, 3 a.m. was when I was like, I really felt my body shutting down in a way that was like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. And we slept for like an hour or two? We slept for one hour, for which one hour. was an astonishing boost. Yeah, you were I so different when you woke up. I couldn't believe how much it gave me. <laughs> and I was after we finished, I was wrecked. But it, it, yeah. it completely gave me enough. Because what was happening is mentally I couldn't think anymore. There was a point where you started getting really angry at me. <laughs> I didn't get angry at you. Angry, well, here's the thing, because you're naturally so kind. Yeah. You were furious with me. I was not furious with Well, you. here's the thing. Here's what happened with me. There was a point, I'm saying this because your basic demeanor is not, you're not inclined to be angry with me. That's true. I'd like to think it's the angriest you might ever get with me. <laughs> it, it, more that you were visibly unhappy yeah but you need to be clear i wasn't like angry at you you were you did nothing bad yeah or nothing wrong but there was a point where i was aware that our dynamic <laughs> had shifted in a way that i had not anticipated and it was entirely it was just a circumstance it was that you had gotten to the point where your mind had started to you know when you get to the point where you're so tired because i was right i was pretty tired but i was not as tired as you because i don't have the same exhausting life that you have. Right. You know, that like, uh, I haven't had the sleep deprived experience that you've had recently. Right. But you've witnessed me when I've been like that because when we were in parentheses, that was during the period where uh, I was working at the bookstore. Yeah. And I had classes or shows throughout the week right. to such an extent that the most sleep I could get on some nights of the week. Like, door to door, I could get home, get two hours of sleep, and I have to be up for work. Right. And it was like that almost every night of the week. And you guys witnessed yeah, when brutal. I started losing my mind during parentheses. Yeah. When we got, when there was that, uh, was it the sweat lodge one yeah. where we were all doing whatever we wanted? And for mine, I was just like, I want to take a nap. And everybody yeah. improvised my dream in the dark. Yeah. Um, because I was so tired. That, so I recognized it. But I also knew I was not as tired as you were. But I had reached a point where... You were just like, I think I was trying to explain, like, I had an idea for a scene. And I was like, it could be like, the, and I wasn't explaining it very well. And I was like, we could do it like this. And you're like, I don't, I don't think that will work. <laughs> Which is, for you, to me, is the, is the equivalent of someone else I would know maybe yelling at me. Right. Like, you just being like. I just don't know how that will work. I yeah. don't, I, that is true. Well, well, because we have a gentle, we have a gentle, we do. And uh, generally any idea you would ever have 
even if I didn't think it was a good idea, I'd be like, yeah, let's try it. Yeah. But at that point, <laughs> there was I had so little left in the tank, and we had so much more to do that it was like, I was like measuring, like, I don't know if we can finish this. And it's like, we can't be spending time on like things that might not work. Was kind of how I was like, like I just, it was like, I, I think it was like the horror thing. Yeah. And I was just like, it didn't make sense to me. I wanted in, to do a scene moment. that would be like scary. And I was trying to describe like, here's how it'll work. And maybe if you film it from here. Well, you, it was like a trick camera thing. And it was just like, but there's not, because we like needed more bodies. It was like. Yeah. And. There's a reason people don't make movies like this. And so it was like, yeah. And I was also getting. I was I was more stressed at 3 a.m. because of how much I liked so much of what we had done already. Right. Interestingly, you would think it would be more stressful if it's like, this isn't going well. I was getting more stressed because I'm like, I'm actually really liking all this stuff we're getting, and now I'm worried that we don't I'm going to run out of steam, and we're not going to be able to stick the landing on this. Yeah. And that was what was stressing me out the most, is this feeling of like, we got to stick this landing, and I don't have anything left. Right. And that's that's what was really stressing me is Do like you think you my it? my body is I don't know yet we but won't know we were a long way away probably I'm happy well what because oh, it's gonna be, this could this will be a long process he doesn't know what he means though he means oh. in the in the shooting yeah yeah I walked away happy yeah um but at that point I was getting stressed it was just like. And I haven't, I haven't had that many experiences where it was like, my mind is not working. My body is not working. I'm shutting down. And then that hour of sleep was enough to, to finish. Um, but also, at that, it was such a, like, free-flowing experience. Like, at that moment at 3 a.m., we still didn't know what the ending was going to be. So it's like you still have all the, like, your mind's, like, working. Yeah. Like, okay, we, we could do this. We could do this. And, and there was kind of an idea of, like, well... We'll film a few different things, but it was also getting to that point. It's like we gotta fix. We gotta just pick one. Like we don't have. We don't have enough to film six different versions of this. Here's where I contend. I think that what I like about this moment, before you even say it, is that whatever you're about to say, neither of us realized that it was almost like finding out that we were part of a reality show. It's like, oh wait, there's a judgment. Oh. Here's what I think. I contend, and both of us are kind of like, oh, we didn't even realize this was part of it. Well, this this whole thing is so delightful to me Mm -hmm. because I think it's what's fun about making stuff is you just, like, grab some friends and go make a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's cool is that enough time has passed and we are experiencing enough of what we do that now we're very good at what we do. So it's like the things that we go and make might actually be really interesting and like I'm excited to see whatever this thing is. And it's like inspire it it is inspiring me. And so now it's making me go, What now I want to make a feature with Connor and then I also want to make a feature with Tom. And I feel like we should do, we should just keep doing a bridge of like one day features. <laughs> yeah. Among all of us. It was And this is me writing myself into this cool experience that you guys have had. No, but I also feel the same way, which is that like I Because immediately as you're talking, my mind's going to like man, if I had to make a feature with Connor in one day, what would it be? Yeah. Because, Tom, I think you're very good at just diving into situations and being like, yeah, let's make it and figure it out. Whereas I think I tend to overthink things and be like, unless I can really find the angle. And you're sort of like, yeah, we'll find it in the moment. Let's see. 
Yeah. I, I, uh. And so I think you may end up making more stuff than I do. Right. Because of that. Right. Yeah, that kind of, uh. Like diving into something, really having no idea what it's going to be going yeah. into it is sort of my favorite thing. Yeah. And you're very good at it. Um, I think the way you were posting it on mm -hmm. like, it sounded like it was kind of like a joke almost. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like people were being like, is this going to be watchable? Yeah. But it's like, we were taking it. I mean, of course it's yes. like, it's like, no, no, we are making a movie. Like we are taking this as seriously as we can with of course, insane limitations. We have no money. This is one day. Uh, I still think it's insane that that project that we discussed years ago has never happened. Am I, are you talking to Connor? No, all three of us. It's a project that he was going to be in, you were going to direct, and that I sort of came up with the story for. Oh, yes. yeah. Roughly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Of course. And that fell apart in weird ways that are still hard to fully parse. I haven't given up on that, though. But I, it, it's do not... all those pieces need to be in place to still do it? No, but... The thing is, it felt like we were, it felt like, let's say there are, I'll blind out and this as best I can. Let's say that, uh, I know what you're saying there is, I, I, let's know, say I that, know the reasons, I know the yeah. reasons, I know the reasons. Yeah. If there were, if there were, uh, because of the process by which you were undertaking it. Yes. And there are certain things that make it difficult to reverse. Yes. And because hands have touched. Yes. And, but also it would be a little bit like if we were all going to go to Six Flags tomorrow. Yeah. And part of it was that one of us had a car. Yes. And we were like, we'll just load up in the car and we'll drive to Six Flags. And then the one of us that had a car wasn't available. Right. Then it's like, well, some of the plans, well, now how do we even get to Six Flags? Right. We need someone with a car. And we wanted to go in that car. And if we can't go in that car, then it's like, well, we need to figure out someone who has a car. And then it's like, that changes everything because that's also the person who sort of knew the way to Six Flags. So it's like getting a car but also getting someone that was like, that's one way we could get there. But I, I would contend that the thing that was interesting about the project from the beginning was Six Flags. Yes. And I agree. And that we would, car. Yeah. You don't even, cause you we could get another train, car. You could take the bus. Yes. Um, you could even you could just be at Six Flags, yeah, and not have to have any yes. of that. Yes. Uh, well, I would like to talk more about that. Maybe not coded, because it, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it does feel like to the point that now I'm like I would just produce that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Except there's no way I'm going to push Tom out as director. I'm just not going to do it. I I'm not, not going to. Yeah. This is a Tom project. I also think that that... So my, my that, role could be as a producer. I also think that that, depending on how Connor's pizza turns out, uh, there's a part of me that thinks that if people like that, that it would make it easier to make that next thing. I don't know. God, I wish that I were like a millionaire because then I would just fund you guys to keep making weird features. I... Like weird like one day features. Yeah. I also just feel like there's that thing of like what I like about Connor's Pizza as a movie potentially is that I just think it's funny because the title makes it seem like 
the t- title sounds like something that might be the worst. Like it, it yeah. sounds like something that like someone's weird uncle made as a. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a very good movie. No, and then when but you say you, I think it's I. It might be. I don't right. know. I. But here's the thing. It sounds. And then when you describe what it is, it's, it's like an, if the t- title was like Baby Trouble. Yeah, it, it's. I think what I like about it potentially, hopefully, is that, and we were saying this as we were shooting it, that if you describe what it is honestly, it sounds like it shouldn't be very good. Right. So if it turns out good, it will have what it will have going for it is an element of surprise that it would be, potentially be the kind of movie that someone would see and be like. I actually need to tell people that you know it's actually really good. Right. Which so you're already going in from a percentage uh, from a position of like people watching it feeling like surprised that it's good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good example of. I mean, maybe this is a bad example because I know people have disparate opinions of it, and I, including me. But like how a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, which was not one that I was particularly wild yeah. about, but for a lot of people it was sort of like. They were surprised, and so it elevated their yes. feeling about it overall. And they were also like, how... Here's a great example. Yeah. Get Out. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that people are like, I don't know what this is going to be. And they're like, whoa. Right. This is really good. Or there's a... What was a... There was a big superhero blockbuster, I feel like, that was like that, where people were like, oh, this is going to be good. And then it like... I think Guardians of the Galaxy was a little bit like that. That people thought this looks stupid, and then they were like, "Oh, we actually really like this." You know that there was sort of like a. Oh man, I don't realize what time it was. Of course, because you and Tom are here, and we're we're at the thirteen and a half hour mark almost. Time warp, yeah. Time warp. Time warp. Tom, you have to be feeling it right now. I'm feeling it a little. It's probably probably close to. Wait, the one thing I need from Tom. Okay. There's another thing from my past that my family we are all trying to figure out what the heck this is. Yeah. And you might be. It you might not be able to help because it might have be something in the south, but it also might be something in Chicago. Okay, I can't figure it out, and I need people listening to help me as well. Look at those low rates. No, it would, I wish that would be an easy <laughs> one to solve. So, I have this memory, and I believe in my memory, it is an indoor miniature golf place. It is certainly not, but just whatever that might mean to you. Yeah. Is it a dark indoor miniature golf place and there is a facade of like an old colonial house inside this like warehouse, dark warehouse space. And on the, this facade is a porch where there's a, a, a mannequin of an old woman like going like, Arthur? Like talking about like, is that you? Like talking to a cat, maybe about a pie on a window or something. This like old woman in a rocking chair. And my images from me as a very young child being like, what? Like sort of weirded out by this weird automated mannequin old woman rocking back and forth. Okay. And I thought that we, this is something that we went to maybe when we were moving houses between Atlanta and Charleston or Dallas and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But then my mom, she was like, I have this weird memory too of that. And I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. And then she found this, uh, which actually is strange, but only a- asks more questions. Uh, this is where JD shows us like the ring video. It's not This has all been a trap to get the, past the curse on us. Okay, here it is. 
first times that in my interview process and said, what would you do with this space? Uh, they warned me that if we screwed it up, we'd be driven out of town. Half jokingly, I think. Um, so there's this thing in Milwaukee called the Streets of Old Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which is a, like um, a fabrication of what old-time Milwaukee would look like. And in there is this. That's the biggest challenge together and that is almost exactly precisely the image that is in my head when it comes down to the device but here's the thing yeah we never went to Milwaukee mm. ever and Milwaukee's you know we did go on a little family field trip and stuff but we mm. were really young Milwaukee from Chicago is hour and a half drive two Probably hours even a longer yeah yeah but it's not even half of like a Sidewalk chat between you and Tom Levin. Right. But imagine if you have young kids. You're not going to be like, let's pop in a car to go to historical old Milwaukee. So we're trying to figure out. Did you ever go to like a family vacation in like Door County or something? No. Because hmm. back then we didn't really go on vacation or stuff because we were just moving a lot. Mm. So we're trying to figure out why. I don't have that. That is, that's not ringing a bell for me. That and here's the other thing is that chair. there's other cities that have had that do streets of old blankety blank. Uh-huh. Like maybe there's a company that helps do that, and this like old woman is a part of. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I can't figure it out. If, but it's like this image where I'm like, that's it. But that puzzle piece doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit there. Yes. Yeah, I bet it is something like that where it's like they didn't just make one of that; they made twenty yeah. of them, and that and that right. it could be that like. Some other thing that isn't streets of anything, so you wouldn't come up by that. Is like we need these like right. animatronics for this. But it's one of those weird things that I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever gonna figure that out until someone's like, "Hey, actually, I grew up in rural Georgia, and here's that was a weird thing, and it only existed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think I'm gonna be able to find. That but that's one of your uh, yeah. your meat monster, meatball yeah. man. <laughs> meatball man was it uh, meatball eater yeah like this childhood memory yes that's like burned there but you can't you don't have any other info yes 100% you about to play something what's happening are you taking a voicemail is this the superman goofy cartoon Hi, welcome to Spook Patrol. I'm Bill Ratliff. I'm Debbie Howland. Thanks for joining us Yes, we're going to have a a lot of fun in the next hour and a half. We've got all kinds of things going on and lots and lots of prizes to give out here. We're excited you joined us and we're hoping you had a safe Halloween. Yes, let me show you what's going on just around the studio here. In the next hour and a half, you're going to see a lot of folks. You can see we've got all kinds of spooky Halloween things set up. We've got a little nursery over here with uh, some of the little ghosts and goblins playing around. And as we look uh, over here, we're going to be making some phone calls. And the Batman and the Scarecrow are going to be giving away some very nice prizes tonight. I want to just, I want you to hear, we talked about this earlier. This was a public access special that my dad 
posted. Um, and I want you to hear just a little bit of, uh, of the Batman and the uh, Scarecrow. Right now they're just interviewing a banker. Enjoyed it very much. This is Batman and Scarecrow. I think we're going to go over to Batman and Scarecrow and talk about some more prizes. The telephones are busy, so here we go. Okay, we thank you a lot, Debbie and Bill. We appreciate you getting in the Halloween spirit. The outfit looks great. Thanks, buddy. You know, being here at the Spook Patrol at JCTV is a lot better than fighting crime against the Joker. We're having a great time here. We've given away some wonderful prizes already. The phone banks, they're buzzing away. So stay by your phones, boys and girls. You could be the next caller. We're on the line right now out of Bel Air Road. We have Tommy Lennox. Take it away, Scarecrow. Tommy Lennox? Yeah. This is Scarecrow from Spook Patrol. Listen, I've got a major prize to give to you, but you've got to answer a couple safety questions for me, okay? Okay. All right. You were out tonight. You were trick-or-treating. I know you were. You didn't soap any windows or do any mean pranks, did you? No. Good. And have you had your parents check your candy for you? Yes. Great. And you trick-or-treat, did you trick-or-treat in your own neighborhood or did you go around to other places? In our own neighborhood. Well, that's fantastic. Were you home by 7.30? Yeah. Okay, I do have a major prize for you, and here it is. It's one 36-pack of collector coins from Pullman's. Okay, it's a 36-pack of collector coins from Pullman's. And you can pick this prize up at 207 East McCarty. Thank you. You're welcome. Congratulations, Tommy. What's Pullman's? Congratulations. I don't know. Okay. Hey, Scarecrow. Looks like Tommy's been a great Halloween treater out there. Good to have him out. <laughs> I really can't say enough about this portrayal of Batman. Hey, everybody. Batman here. Uh, you, should, you should do an online thing. Because mm-hmm. people break down all the different canon Batman. Yeah. You should be like, well, there's one other televised Batman people are talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can find the one where it's the haircuts. That's my favorite. Well, I tell you, the pumpkin patch is really getting interesting looking. We've got a ninja turtle over there and a fairy princess and a really hard looking witch. And we've also got a bunch of callers out there. We've got one on the line right now. We have Rachel Wilkins out at Southwood Hills. And Rachel. Scarecrow. They are Rachel. Yesterday evening, we have... make a final... Uh, did we get back here? Alright, let me see if I can find it. This one. Um, yeah, this is like a Batman that's really like no other. Yeah, is this the one that's in the Joker? Uh, is this the new Batman? Yeah. After the Joker puts his fingers in the kid's mouth, he grows up to be this guy. Um. We've gone over here. What? Oh, we've gone long? <laughs> yeah, we're an hour and a half over. <laughs> it's a good callback to hear some of Spook Patrol, though. It was good. Um, thanks for being on the show, Tom. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. How do you want to end this, Connor? Um, well, Tom, where are you going for? Are you walking home? I'm going to walk home, yeah. Does that walk toward the train or away from the train? Uh, it walks towards the train and then beyond the train. All right. Um, I think maybe we walk out of your building yeah. and we end in the, at your front door. Okay. That way you don't have to walk to the train. I mean, I can walk to the train if you want me to walk to the train. That's how we end it. Normally. If you like to do that, we can do that. We can do it. All right, good. I was trying to save you a trip.
I know. And I was I was gonna take it, but then I was like You'll feel bad about it. Yeah. Um no, is it, is it more in the spirit of the 12-hour day for you, for you gents to do that walk alone? No, no, no. Wait, take a deep breath? Not when, I mean, we've never ended uh, with a guest like this, so this That's is just I mean. a... No, but I, I, but it, no, no, I don't... Connor, take the cookies. I can't take all those cookies. Those are for you. It's one and three quarters. All right. And that's the apple one? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, that leaves me with no cookies. I have, I have, uh, you should have, I have, an addiction I, I, have to I have an additional cookie in my bag. I have an addiction to sweets. Well, the, all take the more reason you have it. Take that, take that to your child. So the yeah. sweet, I, the sweet I almost brought. Oh, what'd you almost bring? Okay. Otherwise? Do you go to El Bambino? Yes. Have you ever had their brownie? No. It is one of the best brownies I've ever had in my whole life. Really? At El Bambino? I know. It's shocking. That's the one that's like under the counter right there. Right? Yeah. Uh, the panini place. Right. Yeah. I they, stopped going there because the paninis always had too much sauce on them. I'm honestly not crazy about their paninis. Yeah, I do I, like their crostinis a lot. Yes, the crostinis are good. Oh, and they also have really good tomato soup. But their best item is this brownie. You got to go try it. I'm not Mike. That's all right. Now it's just you and me in this room, Tom. You still mic? Yeah, you're, yeah you're, I think I am. You put yeah. a scarf over your mic, though. Yeah, it's not That's a good, an interesting not choice. Good. Um, That's why I said we needed a sound guy. Tom, have you had time to see any anything lately that you've enjoyed? I haven't. I've been so bad. That's not bad. With, That's with just movies. a different. That's just a different pace. I know, but there's so many things I'm just like kind of dying to get to. And I just haven't had a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen Joker yet. I really want to see that. We talked about it earlier. I, my, Parasite is like, I really want to see Parasite. I think you'll like Parasite more than you like Joker. Yeah. Um, I think... Well, But it's a shuck fest. I got to see Ben. Yes. You'll like Ben. He's great in a scene. My feeling is, my sense based on... I feel like it's been a pretty even split among the people I know in terms of who's really like... Who's like Joker and who's not liked it. And it's been like a pretty... Uh, Interesting mix. Did the sharks go together? Uh, no, the sharks all saw it. I guess one shark still hasn't seen Joker. I assume Caraman maybe saw it on his own. Riley, I assume, saw it without any other sharks with him. That just we leaves only, me. We can only assume, assume Ben Ben seen it. Oh my God! I'm showing uh, Tom a thing that uh, can't talk about. Wait, take a deep breath. When is okay, oh is this is go. this yeah oh wow amazing that's pretty fun right really fun um the uh you're you're a short degree away from uh from zero I uh, listeners don't want to understand any of what Tom and I just said because I was just showing them things, a thing on a schedule. It's a blind item. We've had a lot of like secrets in the last couple hours. Well, there's things that you can't talk about because it, we've we've also had a lot of exclusives. You know, we've had a lot of exclusives in this episode, right, JD? Have there been? Yeah. Like. Like. Uh, we talked about Connor's Pizza, which that's not something that we've. Done an exclusive, uh, an extensive amount of public talking about. What else? Is that the only exclusive? Oh yeah. Well, Tom. parentheses. We were. Uh, oh, we were of course. pretty secretive about. Tom holds on to my spare keys. Spare keys That's coming great. home. Yeah, we finally we got to 
It's happy that it happened. Yes. We actually got to put it to use. You needed these keys. I walked out, and my sister had come and visit and borrowed the spare key that Elena and Riley have, who mm -hmm. live around the corner. Yeah. And so the only spare key I had left was 12. And if he didn't have that, I would have been locked out of my apartment. So you're giving it back to him now? Yes. That's great. I will keep it for safekeeping. You're a good friend, Tom. As are you, JD. As are you, Connor. As are you, Tom. As are you, JD. You guys have to carry the conversation because I don't like Oh, really? Yeah, oh. I'll take Tom's with you. Okay. Um, we can share. Um. Uh. But I feel like, Tom, I feel like you'll really like Parasite. Yeah, I've heard really good things. And... My gut tells me that while you'll appreciate certain aspects of Joker, that overall I think you might, it might not ring your bell. Uh-huh. You know, like as a film overall, I think you might like moments in it. But that's just my gut feeling. I don't yeah. think Tom will like Joker. Yeah. Yeah, that's JD, you were, you were a little lukewarm on it. Is that correct? Yeah. I got a quick, I got a quick like, reaction in the grocery store. But I didn't hear your full thoughts. But I also haven't seen it, so... Yeah. yeah, let's talk after you've seen it. Okay. Yeah. And I also, well, and I'll also say this. Um, increasingly, I do have this feeling about, like, uh, the way that certain movies play in a movie theater versus at home. And a lot, some of it has to do with my own attention span. But I feel like there's at least one thing that I've seen recently, and I'm not sure what it, is, what it was... But, although I think Parasite would count, uh, it would certainly be a movie that I was glad to see in a theater, because uh, I think there were things in it I really liked that if I was watching it by myself at home, it would be very easy for me to get distracted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... And I do think about that a lot in terms of uh, the the way that uh, the things that we find funny, for instance, when we're watching them by ourselves versus the things that we find funny when we're watching them in an audience with other people are sometimes very different, right. I think. Here, can I say something? Of yeah. course. Tom, were both of you at my birthday, my 30th birthday screening of Doggy Afternoon? No, was that, uh, was yes. that like the last night of sunshine? Yes. I was there, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, so something that I thought was amazing is I hadn't seen Doggy Afternoon in the theater. Yeah. And when you watch it alone... It's interesting, but when you watch it in a the theater, there's so many laugh moments mm -hmm. that are like big, like comedy moments that play for laughs among a theater. Yes. And it was so interesting to be in a full theater of people like cracking up watching Dog After Noon. You're like, oh, right. This is a funny movie. Yeah. Right. Totally. But it's not funny when you're alone. Right. Because it's also, I think, and it's not that, it's just different things pop out. Like it's a much sadder movie when you're watching it alone in your apartment because it's, all the things that are sad about it st stand out. Yeah. That was a pretty magical last screening. Because it was a packed... That was a packed theater. 
And I feel like that. I feel like Dog Day Afternoon really holds up. Uh huh. It was also. It was my 30th birthday. I had bought out the ticket so people could just walk in. And it was like, I want to say like 50 to 60% full of just my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just like a really warm audience. And it was fun in a very movie way to be like sitting down and seeing all these different groups of friends of mine Mm -hmm. having gathered to watch Dog Day Afternoon, which was also the last ever screening at Sunshine. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's an amazing, that's an amazing thing just to do. To kind of create that. And it's a perfect movie theater. It's so sad oh, that... It was the best. It really was the best. Oh. The... Uh, I saw... I think I may have been telling you a little bit about this, Tom, when I saw uh, Nashville oh, yeah. in a movie theater. I'm so sad I missed that. And how... That's a movie I love, but I realized I've... I've only ever watched it alone or yeah. with a couple of friends on a TV screen. And to see it in a theater, one thing that's very interesting is how it gets a mixture of, even in a, like a, maybe even especially in like a New York City audience, there are some wrong laughs that it gets. Oh, interesting. That like... Oh, like... There are times when people are laughing like in the scene where the uh, the woman is uh, doing her song and she's really bad yeah, and the guys start was, that's just what I was thinking the guys that, start that. saying like yelling for her to strip there were plenty of things in the, that audience where the audience was laughing and it and it's exactly the kind of wrong laugh that you're like you're they're like the people in the audience yeah. instead of instead of the watching pe- this movie yeah. where this person's being victimized. It was very, very interesting. Uh, do I go in this side? Yeah. yeah All right. Tom. Tom. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, of course. Transmitter. Yes. All right, Tom. You're a wonderful guest, Tom. Thank you, guys. It was an honor to be on this podcast. Good night, Tom. Safe travels, Tom. I'll talk to you soon. So long, Tom. I'll see you so soon. So long, J.D. Good night. There he goes, Tom Levin. Tom Levin, everybody. Walking away. Uh, Now, we're heading up these very stiffy stairs. Yeah? In 20 minutes, we'll have entered 14 hours. Oh, wow. Which is that a record? I don't know. For this? I have no idea. I feel like that's our longest. I think last episode, because it was two different recording times. Maybe gone longer? Maybe the full time was longer, because we did like eight hours and four hours or something, or or something. Yeah. Eight hours and five. No, it was like ten hours and four hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we did a really long uh, intro and outro. Oh, right. That was so funny. I forgot about that. Uh, Yeah, because we did... We did, like, we split it up. Maybe so we was, should record an intro now for this in episode. Case? Maybe, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so the last episode was... thirteen thirty-one. Have we beaten that? Let's see. Uh, 1316. No, this will be the longest episode ever. By what? By how much? 
like an hour. Longer than... Or no, 1331. Oh, no, no, by only like 10 minutes or so. But it will be our longest full episode? Yes. Even with the intro and outro of the other one? Yes. All right, good. Because that was 1331 with the intro and outro. And this will be 1316? No, this will be 13... We started at 11... 1342? 1342. So at least 13 and a half hours. Yes. Without any trickery. Yeah, and there was no, as far as I know, no technical difficulties. Yeah. That's good news for people who like these episodes a little longer. Yeah. I feel like there was like less gimmick to this episode. Yeah. I think so. Um... Yeah, you're right. So, like, all of this improvement to this station is just... Uh, right, you see these? The, yeah, this? you had shown me these before, and they're, they're, they're stylish, but they don't Here's the other thing. Anything. Watch. Walk down here with me. These just prevent people from falling. Yes. And in a way, make it easier to climb over it if you'd want to. Yeah. So here's the other part of this that must be so strange, is that... You can now see directly into... Apartments? Yeah, like there's a guy on his phone. Hello, stranger. You can just see into people's apartments. Hi, Roger. Now, I, yeah. Hi, Roger. I wonder if these people like it because they maybe get sunlight again when the sun is on the other side of the sky. Right. But also, I think I would rather have it be darker and not have thousands of strangers looking into my window every single day. Unless that's what they like. Which I doubt is what they like. There could be a few people who like that. Uh, yeah. Because it's like people who are lonely and it makes them feel less alone to see people staring into their apartment. Yeah, what, what kind of people would that be like? I don't know. Like a, an unusual person? I'm saying the type of person that might listen to a 12-hour podcast. Oh, maybe. Just to maybe. hear the voice of other people around. I wonder... Now, what are those green lights over there? What's that green thing over there? That is... It's white lights on a green thing. That is an advertisement for the fruit market that's across the street. It's a very high advertisement. Yeah, the United Brothers. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mmm. There's this one little area where it's like you can stay dry. That's it, right? Yeah. Isn't that still weird? It's a very weird station now. And it was like like hundreds of millions of dollars per station. Yeah. And how many of these do they do it to? Everyone on this. On this line? Line. Yeah. And they're in the middle of constructing the Astoria Boulevard. The only change they made to Astoria Boulevard that's good is they're putting an elevator in for people that are in wheelchairs. Yeah. Or that need help. Do they, do they have that here? No. They don't have an elevator at this? No. They did all these changes and they didn't add an elevator? No. They added an extra set of stairs on one side. Ugh. Right? That doesn't but make But they added sense. this cool glass. And a bunch of monitors that don't work or don't have anything in them. These, this is an advertisement for yeah. work, usually. And then I, think, I always think these are funny. But they have the neighborhood maps as these updatable screens. But it could have just been a printed out poster. Right. It's not changing. Well, it could change, though, right? 
Right, but you could also put up a new poster. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that kind of thing where we, they put in a, a screen that doesn't need to be a screen. Um, I feel like the same way about that as I do about, like... Like, there was the point 10 or 15 years ago where uh, all of the... Um, paper towel dispensers switch to the motion activated yes. kind and I feel like that added like we ha- like what we had at Barnes & Noble in the employee bathroom was the trifold things yeah. where you pull one out and the next one comes out automatically it's right. like a it's like a I feel like it's like thousands of years old technology in a way that it's like you pull out a thing and it pulls out the next one with it do you remember the old thing I know we had them in our like church catholic school bathrooms mm-hmm. that was the long towel that you'd pull the towel i hate i never understood those it's disgusting yeah it makes no sense it's just the same towel and it comes back around again yeah yeah uh, i never really had an experience who thought with, of that i don't know i guess if nothing else was available that makes sense but i remember even as a kid using those and being like this is a bad idea yeah um it would only make sense if there was a way that it was cleaning as it went and around. It's there not. isn't. Um, <laughs> right? No. Uh, but the technology where you pull a trifold towel out and the next one's yeah. ready to go was replaced by a thing that was constantly breaking because the motion sensor would break, and then you have no towels. Right. And people, and then it was like uh, you, or you open it up and you tear off right. the towel from inside the bro, the non-functioning electric uh, towel dispenser. Right. And I was like, we've. I feel like everybody spent a lot of money on a thing that isn't great. Or that thing happens where you have the ones that are automatic and they don't work and then they have a little circle thing on the side that you have to like put your finger in and turn. Yeah, and, and that's, like, that's dirtier than anything right. I had before. And it's like, so now instead I just have to wave my hand and then have a less efficient yeah. handle turn. And I feel like there's a bunch of things like that where it's like, and I'm always talking about like, Water fountains everywhere being replaced by, well, you just buy a bottle of water. And it's like, ah, oh, it was better when you could get a water fountain everywhere. Also, here's my thing. Yeah. They should just have foot pedal. Yeah. For the paper towel dispenser. Yeah. Foot pedal's great. Yeah. Uh, and you know what there should be more of? And this is also very simple technology. Public bathrooms where instead of a, a, anything you have to touch with your hand... Uh, a foot thing for the door. Yeah. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, those are great. And I don't understand this because that's literally just instead of installing it one way, you screw that into the the base of the door. And you can have both too. You can have both, but I rarely if see. If someone's in a wheelchair or something, yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, but I rarely see uh, that as an alternative, and that is the way that you can leave a bathroom without having to. You wash your hands and then you have to touch a thing that has been touched by everybody to yeah. get out. Um, and I feel like I don't see that very often and to the point where it's like an unusual thing when I do see one that it's like there's a foot way out yeah yeah god some people oh here comes the train alright well Connor this has been a lovely 12 hour day it's been a 12 hour day we're a little early for that part of thing is it? it'll be like a minute I feel like you think it'll be a minute? I guess like 30 seconds Maybe 25, 20 seconds. We don't know, but the people listening do. Yeah.
All right, Connor, it's been a All nice 12-hour right. day. It has been a very nice 12-hour day. Thank you, J.D. Of course. Um, uh, just give me the mic next time you see me. I will. Thank uh, you for assuring me this 12-hour day. It's been a 12-hour day. A wonderful day. It's been a wonderful day. Hey, is that a Simpson on your shirt? I'm wearing a Bart Simpson Christmas shirt where he says, Peace on Earth, dude. I'm looking at Connor. I'm looking at J.D. The doors are closing. The doors are closing. Bye, J.D. And now... Bye, Connor. Uh, JD is talking, and I'm talking, and he's following along. And, and now I'm going to lose And Connor. that's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the episode. Is Connor's pretty far away right uh, now. I think Connor got farther than he's ever gotten that time. <laughs> He was really far away, and I could still hear him. That was sort of cool. Oh, all right. Another episode of 12-Hour Day. Um, that wasn't a particularly emotional episode, which is great, because the last one was a lot. So this is just a nice, fun hang with some friends. And now I get to go home and sleep. My mic fell. Yeah, that was a nice day. Um, It's crazy that like almost 14 hours went by. But, oh well. That's how it goes sometimes. Oh... Man. And now it's like raining, raining. Um, but I sort of like it. Oh. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. It's funny because I can't tell. We must be changing a little bit as these episodes go on. But it feels sometimes I'm like, have we run out of things to say? Or are people sick of our personalities? Or what's going on in our lives? Because stuff doesn't feel like it's changing at all to me but I also listen to enough podcasts that I know stuff probably is changing um, but I don't really know so anyways um, it's strange because I I know if I compared this episode and the last episode there would be a lot of differences people would maybe be able to sense and feel but I just can't notice them because um, I'm too inside it. It's funny how you don't notice yourself changing at all. But then sometimes you can look back and take two. Like it's easier to look back and compare two past versions of yourself to each other than it is to p- compare any version of yourself to your, the version of yourself right now. Like <laughs> even comparing myself right now to me when I was five seems harder to do than comparing me when I was five to me when I was 20. Because I think it's just really hard to have a concept of you, of yourself, at the present moment. Um, Because I think you're just reacting so constantly to things, and you're thinking about who you are, that it's not until, until you, like, you know, leave a trail behind you that you're like, oh, that's the direction I was going. Um, At least that's how it feels. Um... I've been feeling pretty good lately. It's funny. Um, I've had a lot of people 
telling me recently that I seem different in a good way. People are like, you seem like you're in a really good place right now. Like you seem different. You walk differently. You talk differently. And I don't know if that's true, but it's when you start hearing things like that from multiple people that don't know each other, you're sort of like, something must be happening. Um, there must be some truth to it or else why would all these people have brought that up? Um, oh, hi, Roger. But um, I don't know. Maybe you guys can notice it or maybe not. Uh, maybe what's interesting is that I haven't really changed and you guys can notice that. Or maybe I've changed a lot. Oh, but uh, yeah, well, we made it through another one. I feel like so many of these end with it raining. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? That most of these days end in it being raining outside? I've had to spend a lot of time in Los Angeles for work. And it never rains there, and I don't like it. I sort of need it to rain to feel comfortable. <sighs> it's a nice sound. All right. We're about to enter my home. I think the numbers of this must be that more episodes have ended with it raining than not. Or more episodes have ended with it raining than are proportionate to the amount of days it rains in New York. <laughs> Someone out there ever wants to do the math on that, that'd be great what the proportionate amount of days that it rains in New York are versus the amount of times that this episode, this episode have had it raining. But you all have lives, so I also understand if you don't want to do that. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. It means a lot. Um, follow my uh, artwork on Complimentary Color. Look at me. I'm plugging something. But also just thank you for listening. And I try to interact on the subreddit every now and then, and I check in on the Twitter to see what Connor's posting about and talking about with y'all so you know hop over there if you want say hello I hope things are well with you have a good night and uh, we'll see you on the next one have a good 12 hour day